Test, test, test. Test, test, test. Test, Testing test. all the way. Test, test. Test, test, test. Test, test, test. Test, 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 test. Test. Test, test, test. Test, test, test. Test, 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 test. Testy test. Test, test, test. Test, test, test. 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 Hey guys, before the episode gets started, I just want to jump in here and let you guys know that because of some technical difficulties, uh, Connor and I lost about two hours of the recording of this episode. Um, But to make up for that time, uh, Connor and I did something special and we recorded some bonus content that I've peppered into the episode. Um, It's some interviews and some private time that Connor and I both uh, recorded with our respective families over the holiday time. Um, anyways, I hope you guys enjoy that, but I'm just letting you know that uh, from time to time we'll uh, jump over to that stuff. And uh, anyways, thanks guys for listening, and we hope you enjoy episode six. All right. Are we good? That's a test, 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 JD. Test, 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 Connor. We're doing it. We're back in the saddle, baby. Uh-oh. Ow. Sorry. I just hit myself in the face with my own hand. Are we happening? Yeah. Are we happening? Is this the episode right now? Yeah. All right, good. Um, how much of that? How much that will make you're it gonna the make final? The, yeah, you're going to make the call as far as back, back starting it. Yeah, we'll see. That was a lot. That was a lot of testing. That was a lot of testing. Oh, um, oh Connor, how are you? Hi, JD. This is, the, is this the closest we've had between episodes? What, like three weeks? Yeah. We've never done two in a row like that. Have we did a month, maybe? Yeah, I feel like the last one doesn't count, though. The last one sort of felt like we were making up for lost time. The catch-up episode. Yeah. So this is a pure episode, and this is a holiday episode. Uh, We were supposed to record this a week from now, and I was thinking, like, oh, will we get this out in time for the holidays? And now I feel like we'll definitely get it out in time for the holidays, right? Yeah. I mean, not all of the holidays, but some of the holidays. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. And I feel like last episode, I listened to it, and the first, like, six hours, I barely talk. Well, you rarely talk uh, on the podcast. You talk to a lot of other people. What? Like, you go off and take phone calls and stuff. I know. but that You're episode, talking a lot during that six hours, but it's private. Right, but that episode was particularly... Me heavy. You having not you heavy. It was me. It was me you not liked. talking. Yeah. Yeah, but when you're not talking, I have to talk. So that right, which put a do you large think people were off put by that? I wonder. Like I don't remember any of the things I said. Uh, I think I do. You ever get concerned? Here's my. I had this thought the other night. Yeah. Is I was like, I should make sure that I talk more and don't just work during the podcast. Uh-huh. Then I was like, yeah, I got to make sure that my like, <laughs> uh, I have to make sure that I'm not portraying myself wrongly on this podcast. Yeah. But then I was like, That's... after 72 hours. Gotta get back to work. No, but after 72 hours, there's no, it's got just the wrong, me. That's it, just who I yeah, am. Yeah, if someone got the wrong impression after 72 hours of it, what would that say about you? Yeah, it would say that that's that I have a wrong impression of who I actually am, and well, then but, I, I had this terrifying feeling of, oh no, am I just this person that can't disengage from work when you're around them? And am I just this person who has nothing going on? 
<laughs> like, is that the true? Is that the true impression of the two of us? Is that JD's really busy? He's got a lot of irons in the fire. Connor just—he can just like <laughs> he can just talk. He man. just talk. He can just talk, man. I got nothing else going on. So what has been going on with you, Connor? Um, well, let me think. So let's catch up these last few weeks as far as what's happened. There's a lot of stuff. Yeah. I mean, this is this is the thing that's weird. Yeah. Is how, I mean, I think uh, we both have, I think, going into this, knowing we're going to do 12 hour day, I think we probably um, firewalled from the very beginning a certain certain elements. Yeah. That don't we just like... Oh, that's not going to come into it. You know, that's just like right. a that's a natural human impulse that like we want to be as open as possible. But I, I I have a feeling with the more I think about it, that there's some things that you just naturally firewall. You just like well, that's never even in like Here's rooms in your mental house that you you close the door on and like these aren't going to be part of the mix. Yeah, the term firewall. Yeah, do we only use that because of software, or was that a term that was used as widely before the the idea of firewall software became what's in the, vogue. I've never thought about it, but I definitely it definitely came into vogue because of the software that people have things to, to firewall. Right. But uh, what's the origin of firewall? The the um, uh, well, I mentioned it has a really cool origin pre computing, right? Yeah. It, 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 it was for walls. It was for walls that were impenetrable to fire. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that if a house caught fire, your stuff yeah. behind the wall wouldn't get. Yeah, I mean the the. Timmy Wood says a very merry twelve-hour day to you and Connor. Oh well, a merry twelve-hour day to you, Timmy Wood. I I really like Timmy Wood, and I just never get a chance to hang out with him because I'm too. I have too. I'm too obsessed with work, Connor. You're too busy, but he gets to hang out with you anytime he wants. He's got seventy-two hours of hangout time with you this year. If you listen to all the episodes, right? Yeah, but Timmy's the person that I I want to hear. You want, I want not, to hear. You're hit. not getting anything. I want to hear. I want. Yeah, I want something from Timmy. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's. Yeah, can't always can't always give what you want, as the Rolling Stones famously said. Um. Let me let me say this though. Uh, so so there's certain aspects of our lives that we are firewalling. And I, I think there were probably some things from the very beginning of this podcast that we just, without even thinking about it, just automatically, just out of natural sense of propriety, discretion, etc. But all along, you have had um, certain like business, show business things that you can't talk about. Yes, this is true. Uh, and uh, and now, like increasingly. Uh, you and I both have things that we can't talk about. You know? You're saying you're, you're catching up in terms of discrete stuff. Yeah. Discrete um, work stuff. I think you always had more discrete personal stuff than yeah. I did. Yeah. Um, and now I'm trying to catch up with discrete personal stuff now. Okay. Do you have some discrete personal stuff you can't talk I about? I don't, honestly. Oh, okay. I actually had a funny moment the other day. I was talking on the phone with my parents, and it's been a while because I've been all over the place. And uh, whenever I call my parents to your, to your parents, just where they'll both get on different phones. Yeah. Because I end up, for a while, I would have the same conversation exactly twice Yeah. each of them about what I was doing. And then, so then they start going, well, you know, we don't want you to have the same conversation. Why don't we just both get on the phones? <laughs> It'll be like this, uh, 
one of them in each room on a different phone. Yeah. But my mom, she's like, okay, and how's, uh, do you mind me asking how dating relationship stuff is going? Which has never sort of been a thing yeah. that we sort of That's just... not a JD and his mom topic? Not so much. Not Not growing up, but I think as of late I've been, it's... I've been more like, yeah, that's fine. Because I think they made it sort of a weird taboo yeah. topic, my childhood. Now I'm like, no, I have no problem talking about it. Yeah. And But my mom was referencing something that I said to you on the subway during 12-hour day. Right, like, I remember specifically when you said it. Really? Yeah. What was it? No, I remember when. I remember oh. we were going downtown on the subway train. I don't remember where we were heading, but I remember you seemed a little glum, and I asked you about it, and you were talking about how, like, well, oh, I'm falling into this old pattern with someone when I'm oh, yeah. it's the same pattern. Right. And then I was like, well, I want, you know, how's that? And I was like, I don't, I don't remember what you're talking about. And she's like, well, you were texting someone and was it this person? I was like, no, 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 it was a different person than this. Da, da, da. And it was like, and my dad goes, like, we did the, like, sort of like, how do you know? A about minute this? or two. Yeah. No, we did a minute or two of like being, being like, I don't know what. And she was like, well, you were talking about, my dad was like, does it matter? How, how, how? The question, the question you want to know, Mary, right, is <laughs> yeah. how is it going? But you have the weird sensation of you don't have a memory of having this conversation with her. So you're, no. like, you're trying to remember what you talked about with your mom and when. And you're like, I don't remember this conversation. Right. And, and then you're she's, realizing she's like, I listen to your podcast. Right. And then she was like, oh, you and Connor are talking about it on 12-hour day. And I was like, oh, I don't remember that. Yeah. And then it, it became more about determining what I was talking about. And my yeah. dad was sort of like... that. The point yeah. is, the point is not what you're talking about then. It's what's going on now. So now that's the thing is like, so does your dad listen to Twelve Hour Day or just your mom? I think just my mom. Your is that what, that sound just happened is um, when you get a text? Yeah. And is that from Star Trek: The Next Generation? Yes, it is. Yeah, it's great because I I've heard that a couple times. I've been like, gives me a nice feeling when you get that, and I was trying to identify where. I heard that sound before. But see, you know what I did is what? I made all of my sounds things from movies and stuff. Yeah. Um, so, for example, do you know what that noise is? What is that? That's from what, from what property is that? Star Trek. Yep. What did, do you know what the sound effect is? Uh, I thought that was when there was a calm, like a, when they got a, a message on there. That's when someone's at the door. That's when someone's at the door. Okay. When someone's at their door, that's okay. Well, these are all subtly different. Yeah. Okay. How about this one? Ooh, yeah, I don't know. I'm not going to be good at this. That's the hailing frequency noise. Gotcha. So that's when someone's hailing. Um, Play along at home, listeners, Okay. this game. How's, what's this one? That's R2-D2. Yeah, that's my set now. So you're mixing up franchises. Yeah, but so th- the problem is that I've had those for so long, and it, it gave me... Uh, there's a period of time where I, was, I watched all the Star Treks. Oh, I yeah. think we talked about 12-Hour Day, how I yeah. watched every episode of Next Generation, and mm-hmm. they're great. And man... Is it some of the best sci-fi? Oh, yeah. And so I got so into it that I made those sounds my thing. And basically, whenever the door chime, chime happens, it would be like... You'd think it was your phone? It'd go, it'd go, well, what would happen in the show is you go, and then you go, enter, and then someone would enter in. Or yeah. that sound makes them go, La, we have a hailing frequency from so-and-so, like, yeah. on screen. And so I would do that. I'd go, enter, or on screen, whenever yeah. that happened. But then these became more 
associated with my phone now because I hear them more often than I've been watching Star Trek lately. Right. So that when, then if, if Star, Star Trek, Trek ever is yeah. on, I will hear that noise and be like, oh, I've done like Pavlovian, like, oh, someone's yeah. texting me. And they're like, nope, someone's just walking oh. into fucking Picard's room. I'd love to know when you're watching Next Generation so that I can get everyone to call you and text you. Yeah. Just to, that'd be a great experiment. Um, the uh, Star Trek The Next Generation, I haven't seen all of the episodes of like the first two seasons of it. Because I remember watching... I was You've never, seen the rest of the seasons, though. Yeah, once okay. it gets good, I watched everything. But it's so interesting, the first season is... Not good. Yeah. Because they're trying very clearly to be... The old show. The old show. And yeah. some of the characters, like, um, are so different that it's, it's also hilarious. It's just like, yeah, like, the, the the whole feel of it doesn't feel as confident or as good. The acting feels a little bit There's some strange. great stories in it, though. Yeah. Season, I, season two is one of the best. Um, Not one of the best, it's, but it's... It's one that it sets I, up the I whole series. do intend to go back and revisit at some point. I just haven't. It, but it is one of... It is a rare example of a TV show. I can't really think of another one that has such an increase in quality. Most shows, if they start out and they're a, a C or a B, maybe a B show can become an A right. show. But the first season that I would say is probably like at least like in the C level. If you if it, right. if the first season had been the only season that existed, people would not look back fondly on it. And the final episode of the whole series is is the greatest it, it, thing. It's best it's, episode. It's the best episode. It's better. It might than be the any best of the episode movies. of Star Trek. Ever. Yeah, it's so satisfying on every level. It's almost hard to. It, it's hard to overstate how great that last episode. It's is. like that's what you should be shooting for when you try to make a finale to a series. Is like an episode that makes you feel that much finality, but also that much surprise. Surprise, new and, things, old things, and just like closure and, and closure. Exactly. You end it, and you're like. Man, great. It kills me that they... I I didn't mind the first Next Generation movie, the one that, Generations that was a crossover with Shatner, because I right. knew what they were trying to do, and I thought, on those terms, I thought it kind of worked. I enjoyed right. it. I think I may have talked about this before. Did I, did I talk about on the podcast about uh, Jeff Falzon and I reading the script of that like a year early? No. Um he had a, a family member who got us a, a copy of the Star Trek Generation script like a year early. Okay. And we weren't sure that it was real. Like we didn't trust that it was real. And Jeff and I read through it and we laughed our heads off because we were convinced it wasn't real. Because uh, it was we, just so goofy? Well, what we were laughing about was how Data gets the emotion chip. Right. And immediately he's like useless. <laughs> like, like... He goes on an away mission, and he's just paralyzed with fear. He can't do anything. And we thought, and us reading it out to each other, playing the parts, was already kind of funny. But when we got to, like, we were just like, oh, Data's been ruined. Like, this motion ship makes him the worst member of the of Starfleet. Because uh, he's just, like, cowering on the ground in, in terror at the slightest threat. Right. And... Then it was very surreal, because this was like pre-internet, it was very surreal to watch the movie in the theater a year later and like it, but also be like, oh, I have this weird sensation of having already acted out this whole movie and kind right. of in a funny way, in a jokey way. But I didn't mind it. I liked the Borg movie, the uh, um, First Contact. 
but yes, no, first, con first, first, contact. first contact is really good. The only I'll tell you the only thing I didn't like about first contact, and I don't I'm not a real strong shipper when right. I watch TV shows. Like I have relationships that I root for and stuff like that, but I also am open to shows like going in directions that maybe I might want two characters to get together, but they'll come up with something more interesting. I really liked, in the last season of Next Generation, their decision to make Worf and Troy, uh, Counselor Deanna Troy, uh, be in a relationship with each other. I thought it actually made both characters a little more interesting. Because it was not a predictable relationship. And I kind of like, on a show that... One of the rules of the show is that there really isn't like interpersonal conflict between the right. main characters. I thought it was an interesting dynamic because Riker felt a little uncomfortable about it, but he handled it. He was mature about it. And it was a real step forward for Worf as a character, and it made Deanna Troy a little more interesting that she liked Worf. Right. And they really ended the show with them as a couple in an interesting place. And then... It wasn't an aspect of Star Trek Generations, the movie. Their relationship was not an aspect of it. And then Star Trek First Contact opens with the wedding of Riker and Troy. Yeah, that's really weird. And I hated it, because I was just like, you spent a whole season developing this relationship that was interesting, and now it's not even addressed. What happened? What happened with Worf and Troy? Why is she back with Riker? They had an unhealthy relationship. Right. And they do a couple things like that throughout the series where yeah, they will sort of ignore things that take place. Yeah. Um, for instance, um, Wesley and his mom yeah. disappear and then appear. Yeah. Where it's like, they're like, we don't need her anymore. Yeah. Here's a different doctor. No, we actually, we liked Wesley. And her. Oh, we liked her mom. It, okay, they're back. It breaks my heart. And then... Yeah. That they never found a place for Wesley Crusher in any of the movies because they had plenty oh, of... Oh, yeah, it's true, yeah. They, he filmed a cameo, I think, in the last one, and it was cut. And I think, like, oh, that's shitty. Like... He was the most reviled character. He was the most reviled character, but, you know, that actually... I'm on his side. Like, it puts me on his side that I'm like... Uh, uh, Even though I don't hate his character, he gets a little... That's the writing. Sh that's he, the... He gets a little... They write him as a kid when he's clearly much older. Yeah. Later on, it gets weird where he's like, but but he was capable. He could have. They could have kept there's him episodes, on as an adult. There's episodes where I fucking he's the best. Yeah. The one with the fucking uh, what's this, the traveler? Yeah. Yeah. And they could. I mean, the thing is, okay. So uh, uh, first contact, great. Yeah. And then the next movie, which I can't remember the name, is it. What was the next one? Insurrection, or I don't even yeah something like Star that. Star Trek Insurrection was might the next as well one. have a generic title, right? And the plot of that movie, like Insurrection, <laughs> yeah, the plot of that movie, it's like a not good episode of Next Generation, right? And also, it has Data learning what fun is, which Data has read the collected works of every writer in the English language, right. And a child is teaching him that playing in a hay bale is fun. Right. He's also had lots of experiences. He's and had... He's had sex. He's... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's had sex the human. And... It's too late. That's... That needed to... The, in order to make that plot make sense, they needed to show like, oh, oops, Data's whole hard drive got wiped. Yeah, exactly. Like... It can't, it can't he be He can't like, just be learning about fun it can't in the be third him. 
theatrical movie of Star Trek after so many seasons on television. Right. It can't be him battling lore in Sherlock Holmesian double jeopardy situations. Yeah. And then he's like, but what wait. fun? But wait, what's fun? Like, you can't understand any of the books you've read, including all, any English language dictionary, which clearly defines fun in a way that... Yeah. And you would get. That I think we could invent a robot ourselves if we had a week. You and I could invent a robot that would learn fun quicker than Data did. <laughs> Data learned fun last after he learned about it. every other human experience, and then he was still like not not clear on fun. I, well, honestly, probably what that was. I'm just taking yeah. a fucking wild shot in yeah. the dark that they brought on a writer yeah. who was like, no, he's a robot. Have to learn fun. That was like not enough, part of the Star Trek. There were enough people in charge. Like I have to assume that uh, Brent Spiner probably was not happy about doing those scenes. I feel like my, what I've heard is like he was always not happy. Yeah, but I would not be happy, and I'm not a difficult actor. But if someone gave me a script, and I'm like, "Whoa, this is the third movie after a long running series. My character knows about fun. We have to address this." Yeah. Just if you want to still do these scenes, there has to be a scene at the beginning where it's like, Boop, and they're like, "What happened, David?" And it's like, "I don't know anything." Yeah. Um, but then I guess with the next movie was the one um, with the last one right Nemesis yeah and that was the ending of it and I barely remember that one and I don't think it was as bad as Insurrection but it definitely was like I couldn't believe it when I found out like oh yeah they're playing that's the end of it I'm like oh man you know what I think is fascinating is when um, actors play the same characters for such amount of time that then they become the people sort of in charge of the character. Yeah. Because, yeah. like, in everything else, an actor wouldn't be like, no, 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 no. Yeah. I'm not doing this. They'd yeah. be like, yeah, that's the script. But then with TV shows, an actor will play the same character and the director swap out so much and even showrunners like that that they'll be like, I'm the, the... Ol- I'm the only one that has the... I'm basically the... the like, I'm the everyone... caretaker of this. Well, it's yeah. like, it's like everyone, like, may, in the maybe in this metaphor, it'll be like, they're like, the like sister or brother of the character, but then yeah. like the parents keep fucking leaving all this stuff. So then, like the sister brother becomes like, great, yeah, I'm in charge now. Um, the uh, I remember seeing. I remember when I realized that they weren't going to make any more next generation movies, and it was it was a very unlikely situation. Uh, I, I I mean I assume like with any experience, there was at least one other human on Earth who uh, had the same moment of realizing, oh no, Star Trek The Next Generation is over now. And uh, the it was when the movie, I was in the theater seeing the movie I Am Sam, the, the Sean Penn movie. Do you know yeah. that movie? Uh-huh. There's a scene in a shoe store where Brent Spiner is a shoe store salesman and he had just noticeably aged to the point where you couldn't... Right, like, you couldn't you know, date. Is it true? I don't know if it's true or not that your nose grows... It continues to grow as you get older. Is that true? Or is that just like <laughs> Wait, some weird what? old... Uh, Wait, what? That people's noses get bigger as they get older. Uh, this might not be true at all. It's a phrase I've heard. It might be like an old wives' tale type thing. But like, when you see like old people, their noses are bigger than they were when they were kids or when they were young adults. What? Is your nose smaller now than it's ever been? <laughs> Or is it the same size? <laughs> Wait, is my nose smaller? As my nose, are you saying is my your that, question? Like, your question? Your knows, your, no, 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 no. <laughs> stop. <laughs> your question was: Is your nose smaller now than it ever has been, or is it bigger now than it's ever been? You didn't add that last part. Yeah. So that question was: 
since infancy. Well, you look at it with such disbelief, like since that can't be infinity, true. Since infancy, as my nose continued to grow, gotten smaller was the first question. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. It's, so I know you. When I was a baby, I had a giant, giant nose, nose, and then no, but you know what I mean. Like the doctors were like, "You looked at Don't me, worry, over time that will get smaller to the point that I'm gonna Google this. As an old man, he will have no nose, like Voldemort. <laughs> Um, but is that an observable thing that you've ever noticed? I guess. I don't know if that's true. Um, maybe it's, uh, maybe, you know, it's like the fingernail thing where they're like, oh, when you die, your fingernails grow. Dr. Oz says that, <laughs> he's been no. discredited, but Dr. Oz <laughs> Dr. says, Oz is, noses and ears continue to grow as we age. But also Dr. Oz believes that, like, if you, but, like, swallow he, a crystal... Also, Dr. Oz, you'll be able to cure it, cancer. Also, if, if a nose growing uh, company paid Dr. Oz money to say yeah. that, he would. Um, we're talking some real shit about Dr. Oz on this episode. Just I think right he's now. a charlatan. Um, but he, okay, this was posted in 2009. Noses and ears continue to grow as we age. Um, and. You know, we talked about this. Scientists lot. in Italy, according to Dr. Oz, have confirmed that ears actually do grow as we age. Bones stop growing after puberty. And muscle and fat cells also stop dividing. But cartilage, that's the plastic-like stuff in ears and noses, cartilage continues to grow until the day you die. Not only does cartilage grow, but the earlobes elongate from gravity, and that makes the ears look even larger. So my last words will be, my nose is larger now than it ever has been, and then I'll die. I, I hope, I don't know. Do you want those to be your last words? I yeah. think you'll have some control yeah. over no, that. No, no, those are, my, those are the last words I want. Okay, so <laughs> those last words you want. Uh, so if uh, in a previous episode when we talked about uh, the the reality in which uh, what was this hypothetical? What was that place where I murder you? Oh, Riley and I talked about that recently right. too. Yeah. Uh, it's a place called Love's Hot Dogs somewhere in like Kentucky. Right. Um, or no, Love's. I don't, it's like a gas station. Yeah, just not make a sure hot you dog. say that. It's it, not Love's Hot Dogs. In dog. the horrible and unlikely event that that happens, make sure you. I'll let you say that. You'll be pointing. You'll be pointing a pistol at me, which in my imagination is like an old timey pistol. Yeah, because that's sort of like yeah, a six shooter. Yeah, and then I go. My nose is larger now than it ever has been, and then you shoot me. It's raining. Here's a question. Yeah. If you were to shoot someone, oh, I don't want to. Where would you shoot them? Depends on the context. Like in that situation, would you shoot me in the chest or would you shoot me in the? Would you shoot me in the face? I shoot you in the nose. Really? Because that's what you just said. My improv training would kick in. My improv training would kick in. And I'd be like, I gotta honor what so you just said. Fucking blow my head off. Yeah. You'd blow. You'd shoot me in the face. I, I would, that's yeah. the most disrespectful place to shoot someone. No, because you want to make sure they die. Connor, but that means that there's no way you're having an open casket funeral. Oh yeah. J.D., you're more of a showman than that. You can think of something better than an open casket funeral. What? You're enough of a showman that I imagine your funeral will not rely on the open casket aspect of it. It will have other bells and whistles. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Have you been to an open, open casket funeral? No, never have. I have. Okay. Several times, actually. I've, I think I've only been to one funeral. It was not open casket. Yeah, I don't like it. It was my grandma's funeral, and she donated her body to um, the medical school. Oh, I like that. Um, open casket is I think weird. The, I think the preserve the I the whole all I know about that is from like watching TV shows like Six Feet Under or stuff like that. And to me, the whole idea of the art and craft of like embalming and all of the things that you do to make someone seem like they're still alive. All I know about embalming, weird. I've learned from Dead Alive. Dead Alive is that a movie? 
Yeah, you ever seen Dead Alive? No. The Peter Jackson's greatest film. Okay, I'll watch it. Yeah, I think you'll not like it. It's um, the goriest film perhaps ever made. All right. Um, we got to backtrack to catch a couple of loose threads here. What are these? Um, well, one is uh, nose is growing. We don't have to. No, that doesn't. You don't we, think it's true? No, I think that's not a thread that needs to be followed up on. But I want to get back to that's your top thread what, is whether or not no, because it grow. takes me back to watching I Am Sam and realizing that Brent Spiner's nose had grown a little bit. Oh well, they addressed that in Next Gen. What did they say? Oh, we, we they we, like aged him. Oh, they have like an aging. It seems too much though. It aging. What the, the, you know what they do is what? honestly, if they did it, if they did a next gen movie now, yeah, they'd CGI him. Oh, you know what? Uh, Are you allowed to talk about the next next generation movie? Is there's that, another is that one of your secret projects. Well, there's another thing I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about. I'm going to write it down. Oh, good. I, my, some of my favorite parts of the podcast are when we write secret messages to each other that the <laughs> listeners, viewers can't see or hear. Um, I'm not involved in it. Yeah? But but you know someone who is involved in the thing you just wrote down. Yes. Well, and I know, is the, there going I know to, that this person. <laughs> is going to use some technology? Yeah. Okay. Good. I'm sure it will come out. Well, I don't want. I don't want. We'll we'll deal with that in yeah. a later episode. I don't want to blow up that but kind of spot. I was just watching it, and I thought Brent Spiner just looked, he didn't look bad or anything. But I felt like, oh, he doesn't look like Data anymore. So they would either clean it up with CG, or they would do a thing where Data goes, "I'm trying to look different now." No. What is different? <laughs> oh no, my hard drive's been raised. No, I think he would go. As I, I want to fit in with my peer group. Exactly. You as look I, as I, old, <laughs> and now I do too. Well, I think it would literally be like, I've come to realize that as you, as the people around me, my friends age, it is unnatural I do not. for me to remain the same. Exactly, and I would rather like to know what it's like to experience the process of old age. It comes with respect and da da da. You know what I mean? Yeah. It would do that, and then there'd be a joke of them being like. Data, why? Data, why? Put on your old sexy face. No, they'd be, yeah, they'd be like, Data, trust me. The honestly, that would be the okay. Act one of the movie would be that that happens in sort of an offbeat where it's like, Data, you don't want to know what it's like to be old. There's no, there's nothing to gain from it. It's just stay young. That's that's every person's dream, and you can do it, and you're not. And then Data would be like, but I want to know what it's like. And then at the end, Captain, I have read a book called. Everybody poops, and yet I do not. Uh, but at some point, Data read that book, yeah. and it confused him. If he doesn't understand what fun is, at some point, Data read the book, the children's book, Everybody Poops, right? and it occurred to him that he does not create waste. Um, but so, okay, yes, I agree. Um, but so here's but the thing. Here, here, wait, can, I finish, yeah, can yeah. I finish this? Yeah, yeah. Is that in the beginning of the movie, he... Decides to become old. Everyone sort of gives him a joking hard time of like, you don't want to be as old. And he's like, it comes to respect. And, da, da, da. and they're like, data, respect comes from this and that, not from being old and experience and all this stuff. And, you know, you don't want your joints to hurt and all this th- stuff. And then at the end, all this action has taken place. Can you not put it right next to the transmitter or receiver? Right, Except it might just make uh, feedback. Yeah. Um, or, you know. Yeah. Um, you can also plug in here if you want it on the deck. There's a, yeah, I'll do that. Um, 
Uh, what At we the just, end, what we were just referring something to was, would I, happen. I was plugging in my BlackBerry to charge, and I oh, got yeah. too close to where the things are. Just well, so he, plugged, he plugged in his phone and set it right next to right next to the transmitter receiver of the. the hell is this? Oh, I couldn't see. <laughs> All I could see was the round holes in the plug. I'm like, it's not human. Uh, so at the end of the Star Trek movie, I've, I've tried to say this for too long now. It's not going to be worth the payoff of me saying this. Yeah. Something big will happen, and I'll be sitting there sort of like the, like, I'm too old for this shit moment. Yeah. And they'll be like, I cannot do this anymore. And then Data will have some quip at the end where it's like, you know, like, perhaps I should, you know, <laughs> what would it be? It would be, uh, perhaps I should relocate my younger appendages uh-huh. and they'll be like data once you're in you're in or whatever you know they'll have something yeah. he'll, he'll, that the last beat of the thing will be data making a joke about how now as an old man yeah. robot he wishes he were young again uh-huh. and they'd be like join the fucking club <laughs> <laughs> um join the fucking club you fucking robot well what the fuck are all oh what were we talking about before we before your um before your Star Trek noises happened. We were just talking about the discretion aspect, right? Yeah. Um, and who we are. Uh, and who we are presenting ourselves to be. Oh, yeah. So, uh, wait, what was I saying about that? Yeah, so this podcast is like, maybe that's who I am. Maybe this is the person I am. But I also, and then I realized, like, no, I don't think that's true. Because even though it's 72 hours. Yeah. It's under very specific circumstances that this ep- these episodes always happen, which are I have to spend twelve hours recording this podcast, yeah, which means that I basically have to block out a whole day of time, yeah, so that means that like yeah, like most days like we've had to record these on Mondays because Monday right. is a day off when i don't where, where I can block off the time, so it's happening on. A day that you and I are both able to block out the time, and so the the thing, the couple of things that are not reschedulable right. are the things that have happened during your day. Exactly, and so, and I don't really have any day that I can take off of the work stuff. So in my head, I'm always like, "Oh, what's what are the things I have to get done today?" Yeah. So I don't think it's the most relaxed version of me that exists is on this podcast. Yeah, uh, yeah. There's a just the fact of having to block out. Literally half of a day uh, is an is an artificial construct. It's an artificial thing that we're doing, and so it creates things that otherwise wouldn't happen. Right. Um, there's also an interesting thing that I think um, the other times that you and I have seen each other recently feel so short, even if we see each other for a few hours. Also, well, here's what we can, he, we can yeah. also discuss, is that yeah. you and I have seen each other a lot in the past month. That's true. More in the past month than in most months. Right. To the point that I think for the first time, we've seen each other get frustrated at each other. Yeah. What is a time when you've seen me get frustrated at you? Um, we had that one text exchange where we were both frustrated at each other. Yeah. Um, and then... Once or twice in Terry Withers Mysteries. During rehearsals or during performances? Mm, once during performance. Well, once during performance, I got really mad at you. Why? What'd I do? I got annoyed. What'd I do? And during the last show. What'd I do? You kept disappearing. 
Well, because I have to change the scenery out and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing is that you are so focused on getting that table in there. Because if I don't take it out, no one else will. Yeah, but it's such a, it's like, hey, just run and do the table. But you were like waiting there for like 15 minutes like, all right, it's coming up. It's coming up. And I was like, we need to make up an entire fake scene. Yeah, that was minutes away. There's, <laughs> I was like, there's decisions that need to be made. And you're waiting, ready to t- get this table in. Got a lot of moving parts. <laughs> I know, but at one point, I was backstage and I was like, okay, you're going to do this, this, this. And then you run in and hand Corey. I was like, you disappeared. Yeah. So I was like, okay, here's the scene. You run in and you hand Corey this prop. And I was like, yeah, I just made up this whole thing. You've just handed this prop as if we need to use this. Yeah. But you've not said for what or why. And then you ran away. <laughs> and I was like, what? All you can't out. do this. It all worked out. Uh, the, uh, well, because they were talking about a stick. And I ran around looking to try and find anything that looked even close to a stick that we could use. I found a mop, but I thought that could be messy. And I don't think, I think... It's something we could get in trouble for borrowing because I don't know whose it is or what it like, could make a mess. And then there was that poster thing that belonged to Alex Hayden who I thought he won't mind if we use this poster thing. Right. And because you're not allowed to borrow like props from other shows. Right. And uh, all of the, we're all talking about a stick. And so, but I also thought it was funny too because he mentioned the stick. And yeah. you immediately ran away. Yeah. But then the conversation immediately had nothing on stage, had nothing to do with the stick. Yeah. It was not brought up, but you were still running around for a stick. So I was yeah. like trying to like get someone to grab you and be like, we don't really need a stick. Actually, what he's saying is that he's a band leader and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And so, but you're still focused on the stick. And I was like, we don't need the stick. Yeah. We need to know what the scene is. And then you ran up the stick and I was like, right. They mentioned a stick like five minutes ago. But then Michael Caine mentioned the stick again in the interrogation right. scene. Uh, at the end of it, he said, you'll never find the murder weapon. And we would have been fine without a stick because Terry said, I'm going to find that stick tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, like, it didn't matter to him. Um, and then I was like, here, you can use this or not, but it's an option. And then you ran to me and you said, what's that supposed to be? And I said, it's the stick. It doesn't matter. Uh, but I just figured like he could go on with it or not. As it turns out, he went on with it. And then but you ran up with such assuredness that this was the thing. Yeah. You ran up and like, here. And, I had to go move that everyone, table. and Court looked at me like, what is this for? And then you ran away, and I was like, I don't know. He just ran <laughs> up and handed a stick. I know there was a stick in the thing, but yeah. the scene we agreed upon had nothing to do with, like, so then, yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, we, we don't have a, this is, we should say what this is for, for people who don't know. This is the Terry Withers Mysteries. This is a show that Connor and I have created and, together. And it's now, it's about to start a monthly run at UCB Chelsea. And many 12 heads have come out, and if you haven't come out, Come out to see the Terry Wheeler's Mystery. This is a, a Connor and JD original production. Yeah. And we're both in it. Yes. As well. Uh, we're in it in the same way that like Alfred Hitchcock is in like the beginning of an episode of Alfred Hitchcock Presents. <laughs> that was a long way of saying we present the... <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, just like it's one of those things where we haven't... I mean, it could always happen that we walk out into it. But yeah. uh, right now we're kind of like Rod Serling. We're, kinda, we're like the people who are like, welcome to the show. Yeah. But I will say those few minutes that we're on stage are some of the most fun times I've had on that stage. Yeah. In terms of, like, just, like, the sheer energy of the audience is great. Yeah. Um, but uh, the thing is, because we, because there's a lot of moving parts... Right. And here's the thing. I was thinking about to say that, like, I think you and I are a really good team for directing that because we're not very similar. We're similar in a lot of ways, but we're not... We're also very dissimilar in other ways. Right. And I tend to go more minimal and less prepared. Right. For things. 
uh, and you are much more like, let's add this, let's add this. And I tend to be like, no, let's just have two things. Right. You're like, well, we could have two things and then we could have them wear hats and those hats can have people in them. You know, like where you'll, you're, and I'm always like, no, oh, it's going to be hard. Uh, and so I think there's an interesting push and pull and correction in terms of like each of our impulses get pulled by the other and we sure. arrive at a nice place. Right. Uh, but one of the things like, because we need a lot of helpers for the various things, I think like we hang a light on the stage rather than just using the, the stage light. But it's like stuff that I'm terrified that one of these months I'm going to have to run one of these shows and you're not, you're going to be like in LA for something. But there's literally the only thing we really do is hang that light. Even that light is like, I don't know what you hang. The fog machine doesn't even work do anymore. The what? Fog machine broke. <sighs> yeah. That fog machine doesn't work. It sort of works. It barely works. All right. Well, and maybe we can I, get I might some buy, I have to buy a nice one. New yeah. Fog machine. Um, but because we had different people changing out the chairs and stuff, if I didn't bring that table out, I don't think that table would have gotten brought out because the people who were supposed to take the chairs away. Right. Because they were all new to it and it was all stuff we. So, like, there's an element of. But you were crouched there for 10 minutes before the chairs were out. I didn't know when it was going to happen. You know what I mean? Like, I was sort of like. And I was also trying to listen. I can't hear everything from back in the booth. I was also trying to have ears in the theater, yeah, in case there was something that we missed or something that wasn't. I guess I think I, I think I also like I've I've. It's not a natural inclination to want to be in the booth. Yeah, and because of work, I've gotten used to taking comfort in being in control of things from a control room or a booth right. or a removed place where you yeah. have to. Assume certain things. Yeah, and I think you're more like you the, like the Gethard show pilot, where you were like on a di- in a completely different right. And I'm saying that in yeah. all the directing jobs I have for live TV stuff. Yeah, I'm always in the booth. Yeah, which is a very weird thing because you're in a room that's not on set. Yeah, trying to run a set, which for most people would be like, no, just let me get out there. Where it's yeah. like you have to get used to like, no, no, no. How can I achieve this from this room? Yeah, and so I think you're more of a live theater person. So it's like weird and stressful for you to be in the booth getting this weird view of things. Yeah. And you just want to be in there because you can make, you can know what the correct move is when you're sitting in front of it seeing it live. Yeah. I feel like I miss a lot of it when I'm in the booth. Right. Um, now the, the exchange we have via text message, <laughs> uh, well, let's just read it out. Uh, let's see. The, uh, there might be, oh no, there might be some things. We'll, we'll redact some things. Oh, I, I, I can remember it. Basically, uh, the reason on my end that it was tense was because I was in the woods and I was shooting something as it was happening. And the reason I was tense is because it was the last day of the cop show and I was yeah. having to organize a lot of stuff. And some people tried to squeeze some money out of the production. Yeah. And I had to put on a yeah. tough guy hat and say, oh, you think you're going to do this? No, 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 no. Yeah. Which is not a hat I like putting on, but it's like, I liken it to like, you know, have you ever, have you ever seen those videos or all those things where it's like there's attack dogs that like, they're like, attack! And the dogs run and like bite on someone's arm. They're covered in giant fucking yeah. dog bite material. Yeah. And then at the end, like, and so there's always this thing where it's like, oh, what's the command to get the dog to stop? And yeah. the sort of answer to that is always, there's not. Once you flip the switch, it's sort of on. Yeah. You have to give the dog a couple hours to like just like 
get out of it. Yeah. So for me, it's the same way where it's like, once I have to turn on the like, here's what's going to happen. Don't fuck with me. Yeah. I'm not going to give you an inch. Yeah. It like, I can't turn that off. And I'm just like, then everything that I do is in the same tenor of like, and no, I, here's what's going to happen. And I made the mistake of, because uh, um, uh, I found out on the shoot that, um, because uh, Michael Tenema was uh, on the on the shoes for Goldwater for UCB Digital Short that I wrote. Right. And because he'd been working on Cop Show. Right. Uh, he, he was doing the shoot that day. And I, so I'm like, oh, is it not shooting today? And... That's when I decided to text you because I thought, oh, it's JD's day off right. from the shoot. So I hadn't been keeping you, I hadn't been texting you during the week because I knew you were on set. I'm like, right. I don't, I'm going to handle this. Stu-. There was like a scheduling problem with Terry Withers Mysteries where uh, I got everyone's availability for our December show. Right. And we did, a, we did a show in November that went really well, but Shannon O'Neill, who's the artistic director, she was not in town because she had booked something. So she didn't see the first spank. So even though it went really well, she needed to like see one live right. before we could get like a run, basically. And so then she's like, well, I have a date at the end of December. And uh, Noah couldn't make that one. Noah Foreman couldn't make that one. So we said, we passed on that date. And then she, and she said, okay, we'll, we'll have you do the next show in like January or something. And uh, then something came up on December 1st. And so she was like... Uh, you can do the. Can you do this show? So I went through. And I'm like, can everyone do it? And Noah was like, I think I can do it. I have a mod rehearsal thing, right? Um, but I think I can do it. So I was like, great, we can do it. Commit to it. And it's on the schedule. And then Noah was like, can you find out if we can go first instead of second? Because I'll pair it two shows together in one hour. Two half hour. Two slot half hour slots. shows in a one hour slot. Yeah. And so Noah was like, can you find out if we can do it first? And I was like, sure, I'll find out. So I, I uh, emailed and I said, can we? Go first, and said, "Well, as of right now, you're going first. So I said, "Great, this is perfect." And then it went up on the schedule, and it said we were going second. And so I was like, and Noah was like, "Oh, I'm having problems with this rehearsal schedule." And he was kind of like, he was sort of they have a new like policy, which is like you can't miss rehearsals for your right. house teams, even if you book a show. Like you have to prioritize this. I was like, "Well, I didn't realize that, Noah." And and then Noah was like, well, I thought I could do it, but we keep moving around when our rehearsal is, and I may only be able to do it if we go first. So I'm like, do you want me to say that? And I was like, no, because we're not supposed to be like negotiating that kind of thing. You're supposed to like commit to your right. schedule. And so I'm like, and then they said, well, you guys have to go second because your show has such a big explosive energy that it would be really unfair to the show you're paired with. Sometimes that does happen where like... Right. Like, someone will do a half hour, and there'll be, like, a TV actor, someone will have a half hour thing, and then the next half hour is someone else. And right. And you we're, watch half the audience leave because they just came to see... Right. Uh, and we were up with an improv show, and it was a great improv show, yeah, but... real funny improv show. But our show has a soundtrack, and lights, and mood, and cues, and all this stuff. It's a big old production. It's a big production, so... And ours is an improv show... But it has all the trappings of a full theatrical production. Right, which is sort of the gimmick of it. Yeah. But so it would be unfair to do that and then be like, great, now... Now watch three guys do a show with no props. Right. It's like when people... um, uh, There's a reason they don't show short subjects after feature films. Like, they have a different energy. People will host Herald Night sometimes. Yeah. And um, the thing with Herald Night is... Herald Night is a 
improv show at UCB yeah. where a bunch of teams just do a half hour of improv. Yeah. They don't use microphones or anything like that because that's not, it's cumbersome to do with improv. So they yeah. just do it with their voice. Yeah. And people will mess up hosting a lot of times by using a microphone to host. Yeah. Because what that does is your ears acclimate to the loudness of Ooh, voice so from the speakers. Damage, so then the people get used to hearing this uh, yeah. microphone voice. And then suddenly a Herald team will come out to do a show and they're talking in their voices and it make it lowers the energy. So our show aside, yeah. basically we're using microphones and asking people to go on without microphones after us. Yeah, I actually did a hosting bit. I Thinking back on even though, I will say definitively, I don't know that I've ever had a more thrilling experience on the stage than when I did this hosting bit. Not because of anything I did, just because it was a, it wasn't even a performance thing. It was more of a uh, psychological feeling. Like it was more of like a psychological experiment. For the Fear Bazaar show that we did in October, which is like yeah. the UCB Haunted House. Did I talk about this in the last one? Because we recorded it right after, no. where I showed the video of the live birth and I sat on stage and had a mask on. You did that hosting? I did that as a hosting bit. I was I had a creepy baby doll mask on and Shannon was being my voice. Right. And I said, Come to the Fear Bazaar Shannon says, Come to the Fear Bazaar, I want to show you a movie I made and I sat on a chair and on the screen they played a minute of the full house theme on a loop. Right. Like three seconds of the full house theme. And then it cuts to a live birth. And I was I had a mask on so you couldn't see my expression, but I watched as the whole audience started screaming. Like yeah. full on terror horror screaming and uh it frightened me a little bit because it's the closest that i felt to like oh i now like viscerally understand like psychopaths who like yeah enjoy like like the sniper in in uh, uh dirty harry who's like shooting people from the rooftop i'm like oh i get it now <laughs> like right this is what he likes it's like i made this video and it's making people scream right but then a Herald team had to come on right after that. And the Herald team was backstage. All they heard was me doing a hosting bit that ended with a solid minute of the audience screaming. Right. And then they had to get up and do improv. And I think that's fine. It wasn't think, fair. Like it went, but I, I don't you, regret if it. If you use a microphone, I yeah. think that's when you mess it up. Yeah. I think it's fine to do something high energy and crazy. Yeah. But it's the audio thing. Yeah. Um, but it is something at, like an improv team is backstage waiting to go on and they hear... the. Something they have no idea what's causing it. They just hear a minute of the audience screaming, and then they have to come out and like get a suggestion and do some improvised scene. Yeah, but that's fine. It's like, yeah, step up. Yeah, um, I, there, don't, I don't regret it, but I do feel like it was unfair. Yeah, there is a thing at, at NYU. Yeah, one of the professors is Robbie Benson. Yeah, who was like he was like a for those of you twelve heads listening, like your parents. He was like the Jonathan Taylor Thomas of your parents. Oh man. Some 12 heads probably don't even know who Jonathan Taylor Thomas is, right? They, well, that's what Wikipedia is for. So, Robbie Benson, Robbie Benson was the Jonathan Taylor Thomas of your parents. He was the, like, yeah. tiger beat. So, find out, 12 heads who don't know who Jonathan Taylor Thomas is, find out who your Jonathan Taylor Thomas yeah. is. Who would that be? I don't know. I it's have... not someone we would know. Um, anyways. Uh, Zach, or... Uh, isn't there a guy named Zach that's a thing? I don't know. Anyways, so... He was also, oh, thank you, Connor. Connor just threw gummy bears at me, <laughs> very aggressively, actually. Um, not, not, I mean, as aggressively, not as aggressively as I could have. No, but more aggressively than I should have. 
He was, uh, so Robbie Benson, he was the, also the voice of the Beast in Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. And so there's a funny thing freshman year. NYU is sort of like Hogwarts. NYU film, that is. not mm-hmm. Probably not the rest of NYU, but Tisch film is like a small program with very eccentric professors and very bizarre. And you just put that back into the thing. Connor's lob sort of came. Happened. It just came. Just. Is that the thing there? Yeah, you sort of really gotta. I usually have to use two things, like two fingernails, to open up the little thing and then push it in. Oh. If you want, I can do it. No. Um. Oh, weird. I'll just do this. Oh, weird. Um. What? I don't understand what happened to that microphone. I'll just do it like this then. Right. Oh, I see. I'm sorry. That's what happened. It just came undone like that. All right. Gotcha. All right. Uh, um, so freshman year, he came in and gave a lecture to our class, which is only like 120 kids or whatever. Mm. And he talked about auditioning for Beauty and the Beast and how he got the role. And he got the role because he was versed. Because basically your freshman year at NYU, your first semester you have to take, you only do sound. Mm-hmm. You do nothing with images. It's just sound only. And your second semester is all only still images of freshman year. Is that like a Karate Kid type thing where it's like, I'm watching the... It is, honestly. It yeah. is. It's like you have to be the master of sound before you can be the master of vid- or visuals. And you have to be the master of still before you can be the master of movement. Mm. They basically keep giving you these restrictions until your junior, senior year when they finally let you fly free. Mm. But so he gave a whole thing where he says that the way that he got the beast is that he knew that the audio engineers would put on a compressor. Mm-hmm to all the voices, all the people that were recording and auditioning to be the Beast. So what would happen is that they'd go really loud, it would compress them down, they'd talk, and it would be flat. And so he said he went in there and he asked them to to not include any compressor. Mm -hmm. He goes, can you take the compressor off? And the engineer was like, oh, okay, sure. Took off the compressor. Mm -hmm. And then he was like, knew what high cut, low cut he needed. And then he said, he started out what was it? It was he was like he was like I made sure when I started my audition that I started off in a very sort of even tenor that set the the levels of it, and then I built up to doing the beast and I roared and that was that and then I had that be the finale set so like it built up and so yeah. it never cut out. Yeah. As opposed to he's like he's like I'm sure a lot of people went in there and they roared right away, but then that meant when they started talking that it died out and they mixed it down and blah blah blah. And so I was very proud of that. But I also always think of that of like, because he sort of talked, he was like, oh, if you want to be, even if you want to be an actor, knowing this stuff is going to be the way to do it. And so I always think about that and like voiceover auditions as people doing that stuff. But then also I think of it in like terms of Harold Knight hosting stage stuff where it's like, yeah, you got to be aware of what the audience is hearing and how they're going to adjust for it. That's very true. So basically then, um, once we once Terry Withers Mysteries got the second slot and we couldn't do the first slot and also we couldn't really 
we didn't have a good excuse for like why we needed the first slot because it was just Noah trying to finagle his schedule. Right. And then Noah was Well, like, we had a good excuse, just not one that not the one UCB that, currently accepts via their policy. But also Noah didn't want us to use it because he, he had already sort of thought he could do it, then he couldn't. Right. And it would have required us having to do a reverse version of the proper order of the way the shows should be scheduled in right. terms of building that dynamic. Um, and so I was dealing with this during the week and we kept trying to finagle it. And then we were like, Noah's like, well, I don't think I can do it. I'm like, well, um, we're already on the schedule. We'll just, we'll sub you out for this one. And then hopefully this one will go really well. We'll get a run. And then from that point on, we'll just make sure we never have this happen again. So I texted you and I was like, well, I got a sub. Nicole Draspel is going to sub for Noah during this thing. And then, but this is like the first you were hearing. Right. Of, of any happened. of this. Yeah. Well, I'd said like there may be a problem with it. I'd like texted her, but I hadn't really. And I was like, well, this is how it's shaped out. And I'm like, wait, what's happening? I was like, this is what's happening. Noah can't do it because of that. And you're like, well, we should just like reschedule the show. Right. I was like, oh. I can't really, not really want to do that at this point because we're on the schedule now. Like, they're already, like, selling tickets for it. Right. You know? And I didn't realize any of that. Yeah. And I was like, I just feel like at this point we've already agreed that we can do it. And we gave the all clear based on Noah thinking he could and he has this, like, reason why he can't right. now. I'm like, I think it'll just be easier to do this. We'll get our run and then we'll start clean in 2015. And you're like, we can't compromise the integrity of the show because of this, like, stupid scheduling thing. And, and then I was like, okay, well, because <laughs> I, I, I was in the, I, like, we were filming and I was like, shouldn't have been texting when I was. I was right. just like, I just got to, like, make this clear. I'll just get this one text out and we'll be done. And then, yeah. Yeah. And uh, Adam Sachs was directing the thing and there was a point where he was like, I could tell he was getting a little annoyed with me because I was like, yep, all right, I'm ready. And then I would, like, take my phone out again yeah. in between. And he was, like, looking at me. And so, like, I was texting you and then at a certain point I was like, okay, JD, I... Uh, here's here's what happened. I laid out the whole thing. Like Noah said he could do this. Then it changed. Then I asked if we could do the other one. But then Noah said he didn't want to say why. And so we've ended up with this. And, and I'm like, if you want to reschedule or if you want to deal with the other thing, then like you can email Shannon for that. But like I think we should just do it this way. And I just had like a long. It was just like yeah. a long. Like this is what's happened. I can't handle like. I've already said we can do it. We're on the schedule. If you want to talk to them about it, that's another right. thing. But check with Noah first because I was also dealing with the limitations of what Noah was comfortable with me saying right. for the reason. So I was also like trying to negotiate without getting Noah in trouble for trying to like move his schedule around. Which I don't think he would have gotten in trouble, but he was feeling like sensitive yeah. about it. Uh, so I don't feel bad talking about it now that it's all yeah. over with. But... Um, just one of those things where, like, you... It's that weird thing when you're on, like, a house team at the theater and there's, like, rules that you're, like, beholden to that when you're no longer... Like, I'm no longer part of, like, the Herald system, so I feel like it's... Like, if I miss a couple weeks of Stepfathers, it's not the same as if, like, if I was on Herald Night and I was missing, like, a month of it, I might get replaced on the team. Right. Um, whereas, like, Jordan Klepper got The Daily Show and now he's, like, an occasional stepfather. Right. Because he can't do it most weeks. But there's no danger that we're going to cut Jordan from the stepfathers as right. long as he's on this coast. Right. Even if he only does like a handful of shows a year, it's like it's a different yeah. vibe. But um, 
But then I sent you that long email, and then there was like nothing for a few hours, and then then we made up via text later that day. Yeah. Well, I was just annoyed. Well, I've been annoyed at UCB lately, just in general. Yeah. And I feel like there's been a lot. There's I don't know. Uh, I feel like for a theater that doesn't pay its performers. Yeah. And then now can't really guarantee stage time to its performers. And that doesn't really do much. I won't say that. Well, you're in a weird transitional well, place with them right now. Because no, I'm not in a transitional place. I'm just not a performer there currently. Yeah. You're, well, you're, you have there's a... No, there's no transition to it. Um, well, there would be because I, I mean, I don't know what the status of... Uh, whether doing Terry Withers' Mysteries means you're back on the performer page or not, I don't know. Like that's the that's the current yeah. thing. It's like you're not you're not you're in the system. Like if you you have a photo and bio there, but however the website is now, like you're not on the performer page. Right, which is a whole thing that I find very annoying. It's yeah. fine. It's fine, but there's certain I don't know. There's certain aspects of UCB that. I wish it was more respectful. I'm not even going to generalize it. I'll just say, because it's only my experience. Yeah. I wish it was more respectful of my contributions to the theater community, stuff like that. Right. And for the things that I feel like it's lacking in that, it then also piles on all these bizarre rules and regulations for how it operates to the point that it's like, sometimes like, what again are you guys doing for this? What like what what are, what are other people getting out of this situation? Right. Because it's like, oh, you guys are in charge of bringing the audience. Oh, you're in charge of doing all this stuff. No, we can't give you space to store your stuff. No, we can't do. This. It's like there's not that many things that the theater ends up doing. So then it's like, is it just a stage? Because I can get a stage other places too. And if you know what I mean, yeah. So an aspect of of me that feels that way. So then when it was like, I was getting these texts that were like, oh, we can't do this because of these use, these rules. Yeah. And, oh, we can't because, I was just like, well then, you know. Yeah, it's frustrating. You're frustrated. Yeah, let us, let us do the show how it needs to be done. Yeah. Or like, but they we'll also, do the show somewhere else. It's sort of my feeling. I was like, we'll just go somewhere else and do the show if it's going to be like, it was a real so weird, many hoops this, to jump through. It was through. a real weird specific thing because also, the, the only people who were fully aware of what the situation was were y- you, me, and Noah at that point. It wasn't a thing right. where we, we never presented it as like a full thing. It was just like, yeah. that's the way it rolled out. Where it's like, are you available for the show? Yes, we are. And then secretly like, oh, I have this conflict, but don't tell them about it. Yeah. Then I'm like, can we do it a different way? And they're like, no, it works better if it's the second half. You really guys yeah. need to go second. So like even within the rule system, we weren't. it's not like we were go- doing a full pitch to them of... We have this like secret reason why we needed yeah. to go a different way. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It I was think, yeah. I think, uh, but the good news is at the end of it all is that Terry Withers Mysteries went really well, and now starting in January, you can go see it. And for those of you who don't know who Terry Withers is, Terry Withers uh, is one of the craziest and funniest performers at UCB, and as someone who I feel really good about the fact that like Terry's someone who was on. 
He was on a couple different Herald teams. He was on Sandino for a long time, which Sandino was sort of like one when it was running was one of the most was sort of like uh, they were always in the anchor slot. They were like one of the most. They were probably the most revered Herald team of recent vintage to not get like to get retired. Right. Like there are other weekend teams that got moved to the weekend, like Bucky or things like that. Or there are other like Herald Nine teams that got moved to the weekend. Uh, Sandino was probably like the one that was the most like. There was the most like outpouring of like when it ended, people being like, I mean, a lot of that may have been members of Sandino, but, but uh, <laughs> the no, but like like but Terry was on that team for a while, uh, and Terry uh, wasn't cut from Herald Night. He just quit doing Herald Night, right? And satisfying for us to be able to put him up in a show because he's someone who. Uh, not on any other teams, doesn't... Like, he's been doing his own weird shows the past couple of years that have been really... Did you ever see any of his short-form shows? I didn't. Terry would do these shows... I know of them, though. That... He would do these three-hour-long shows. I was in at one of them at the Producers Club where Terry would run these short-form games. The, sh- the shows were called Short-Form is the Only Art Form, and he would be saying that short-form improv is, is the only true art form. And he was doing a show at Producers Club where he had a microphone, and Terry's a loud guy anyway, and Terry was talking to this microphone and giving instructions. And at one point, someone from producers, someone came up and said, like, there was a show in the theater downstairs that they could hear Terry's voice. It was way too loud. And they were coming up saying, like, you have to be quieter. And Terry's response, Terry, like, didn't break character. Terry's response was, like, to be outraged. That, like, he has this space for three hours to do his... He needs to be able to do his work. And the my response would have been automatically, like, oh, God, we have to be quiet. Terry's response was to double down on how insane the show was already getting. Because he had, he had paid for three hours to right. do a performance in this theater. He didn't see it as his responsibility to accommodate the other theaters in the theater right. if he'd paid and they'd given him a microphone. Uh but you do these shows, we just go on and on forever. But they would be insane and funny and really, really weird. But it's really satisfying to be able to like put him in because he was in it. He had a he and I had a conversation earlier this year where he was sort of like, uh, "There's more Star Trek noises." What on does screen. that one mean? What does that one mean? That's the hailing frequency. No, but what does that mean to you? That's an email. An email. Terry and I had a conversation last year um, where he was sort of like frustrated and not knowing like what whether he wanted to keep doing. He does improv, which is he, uh, e improv, electronic improv. Wait, you call it improv? Improv. It's e dash m p r o v. Isn't it e improv? No, because there'd be an i in e improv. It's improv. E hyphen m p r o v. Improv. Like email? You don't call it e-i-mail. Okay. I thought it was e-improv. I was calling it that I guess a long I've time, never, too. I guess I've never looked at it. I was calling it that, too, but then I realized that he was referring to it as improv. Weird. Because um, it's the same... The word structure is the same as the word email. Right, right, right. Um, which is, you can look up e-improv. Uh, and he was sort of saying, like, I don't know, like, maybe I'll just do improv, and that'll be all I'll do from now on. So I feel like it's nice to, that we've been able to give him like a, a good vehicle. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, so this, so an unusual, that, so then later that night, you and I texted back and forth to each other and said, sorry, we we're getting testy with one another. We've unpacked this too much. You think? Yeah. We have 12 hours, JD. I just feel like we've, <laughs> we've spent so much time describing the intricacies of this singular argument. Well, we had a fight, singular you know? like how often do you and I, how often do you and I have conflicts? I was, we should have a conflict right now. Over this? Yeah. Over talking about yeah. too long? Yeah. Um... No, but I think that's uh, it's because we also haven't talked about that. Yes, we have. I'm Did just we? trying to be. No, right. I'm just trying to be contrary. Now. Um, the now, how do you feel about? Because I think this might also be a difference in our creative slash management processes. Do you feel when you have like a conflict like that when you're because presumably you have a lot of these. Yes. <laughs> Why do you presume that? I don't know, you're better at it. What, getting mad at people? No, just like, you're also describing that you're having to like deal with people who are trying to, vendors who are trying to squeeze you for dollars. Motherfuckers. We rented this studio from these people, and it was like a real shitty studio. Yeah. It was just a warehouse. Yeah. They want to be a studio, but they just haven't put any of the money in. So it's just this big empty warehouse that we made great use of. Yeah. But like the first day the roof started leaking, Yeah. it was raining, so the roof was leaking like four spots right near these like... Equipment. several hundred thousand dollar camera you know all this very expensive stuff and then they promised us 600 amps power and they only had uh three 30 amp legs which is just like that's like what you'd have in an apartment we need to run these all these like little things yeah that they said they would have and then so we dealt with all that stuff made it all work then at the end one of the guys that runs the studio was like oh they also don't have lights they don't have house lights they don't have like they don't have like lights to turn on in the warehouse. If it gets dark, it's just oh, yeah, careful. Um, if it's dark, it's just. So they just have the dark. lights for lighting the, the. No, they don't even have lights oh, to they light. Have, they like have any we lights? Re- we rent it. They have a couple lights that are movie lights Ugh. that they offered to rent to us. Mm-hmm. But they are these like 1920s era goofy movie lights that you'd never use because they suck up so much power. Yeah. And produce so much heat. It would just be it, it'd be it it it'd be like someone being like, "Oh yeah, I have a car you can borrow. Here's my Model T." Ugh. And you being like, "What? Like, why would I use this? Like, there's no like one of their lights. They couldn't even run because of the, they don't have enough power coming from their. And then they wanted more money from you. So then we our people used some of those lights as house lights for when it got nighttime to like see down the hallways and stuff like that. Yeah. And afterwards, this guy was like. Yeah, man. You know, uh, you know, you're supposed to ask Jenny if you wanted to use the uh, those lights, and you know, you didn't ask them. You know, that was supposed to be. You know, that's something. So that's you know, extra. I, I don't want to. You know, that's we should talk about like the charge for that. And I had this moment where I was like, literally, I just started laughing, like in yeah. this man's face. And it was him and his other business partners, and they're like a bunch of young people that are trying to start up this studio yeah. and they production company. They're all sort of standing there, and they've been very nice to me because I think we've been their biggest client yet. Yeah. And so they, he says that, and I just start laughing. I was like, you're being serious right now. I was like, you're legitimately being serious. Oh, you want, you want, and so then I, I like started getting mad. So then I went, okay, you want to start doing this? Well, you know, honestly, I was like, I was like, I was like I, I'm honestly insulted that you're going to start trying to go line by line, nickel and dime me on this stuff here. I said, but if you want to do that, by all means, let's do it. Let's start going. Let's do it. So if you want us to talk about the lights, charging for the lights, then let's talk about 
the leaking roof, the fact that it's not soundproof, the fact that there's no grid, the fact that there's no house lights, the fact that um, the heating doesn't work, that the heating's too loud. And I was like, how about the time that we lost to this? And I started going through and I was like, I was like, let's start adding it up. Let's start doing it. Let's, let's take out the calculator. Let's write it down. We'll see who comes, comes out more. You want to turn me for the lights? Let's go. Well, I'm going to come back at, at you for everything. And I just like sort of turned on this like very just like, here we go. Yeah. Because I was very insulted because I was like, God, I've, I've, yeah. I've been so nice to you guys your, for having your, this. Your general nature is you're your, your first impulse is you're an accommodating person. Yes, which has been to my detriment a lot of times yeah. in work stuff because I want to make people happy. I just My thing is I want to create a, a positive atmosphere because I think you create better work in that. Yeah. So I felt like I had dealt with a lot of BS for this, and I thought we were really great clients, that we, we treated their space really nicely. Yeah. We brought in this big production full of celebrities yeah. and all this stuff that they'd never had. We built these beautiful sets that they could take photos of that they'd never had in that space, stuff that was just like we're offering all you. All benefits s- to them. Exactly. Yeah. And their space was really bad, but we made it work. Yeah. Uh, honestly, because also the price was right because it was uh, they didn't yeah. have all the accoutrements. So how did they respond whenever you came back at them? Oh, they backed down immediately. Yeah. They backed down immediately. And, now- I, and the guy was sort of like, he was like, no. Well, the other funny thing was, okay, so here's, here's actually a funny thing about it. Okay. Is that they sort of called my bluff a little bit. Yeah. Um, okay, so one of the things is you have to hang lights from the ceiling. And so to do that, we have to put on these, since they didn't have a grid, which is like the bars. A yeah. grid is the bars that run across the top of a studio that you can hang lights off of. Yeah. They didn't have that. So we had to build our own. But you, you put these high-powered clamps onto parts of the ceiling and then you hang pipe from that. Yeah. So to get up there... You have to have a super high ladder. They didn't have a high ladder. They just had scaffolding that you could climb, which was like sort of precarious. Yeah. And not safe to carry lights up and down that. Yeah. So we went out as a production and bought a 16-foot ladder, which is something that a studio would normally have. Yeah. If you have a studio, you have a ladder that's tall enough to reach the ceiling. That's just a given. Yeah. They didn't have that. So we went out there and bought it for like 200 bucks. But when the production's over, I have nowhere to take this ladder. You know, we bought this, but we have nowhere to... We have nothing, yeah, you don't have a place to store it. Mean, but... Yeah, exactly. There's no place to store it. And like our... our... Can you just lay it down in your... Right, exactly. The, lay it down. The, exactly. the length of your whole apartment. Right. And so uh, my apartment's actually 30-something, 30 yeah, 35 I, know. I didn't mean feet. to make it yeah. sound like you were living in a tiny place. I know. But it would take up a lot of it your would take. It would take up almost stretch the kitchen, yeah. Yeah. And so um, I was like... I was trying to be a little clever where they had this ladder and I sort of was like, oh, yeah, you know... And the whole time they kept telling me, oh, send us an email list all over of all the things we can improve about our studio. We'd love to know. So we want you to come back. We want you to recommend yeah. us. What can we improve? And so I was like, well, one of the things, honestly, is you need a tall ladder. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and you know, actually, we bought one. So if you want to buy that ladder from us, and in my head, I was like, I can get a couple, a little bit of the, back, yeah. little budget dollars back by selling them this ladder. And so that meant we, and so I was like, we bought it for $200 and I was like, great, I'll sell it to them for $100. Yeah. So that was sort of the first conversation. And then the woman who runs the business aspect, you know, they're all young people. She was like, well, I'll have to ask the production guy. And the production guy came down and he was, and he goes, that's when he started talking about, is he, he goes, well, you know, you were supposed to ask about the lights. So, you know, you could just give us a ladder. We could call it even for that. Yeah. And I was like. 
that made me mad as I was like, no, 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 no. Don't bring up the lights. Because if you bring up the lights, that's when I got in the whole thing where I was like, oh, we want to start going into all this stuff? Then great. And then he was like, well, you know, the ladder, we can just make it even. And I was like, I was like, no, like, don't try to like. Yeah. But then he called my bluff and he's like, but you also don't have anywhere to put the ladder anyways, do you? And I was like. I got a 32 foot apartment, motherfucker. Right. But literally. I could put fucking two of those ladders. But literally it was just like. I honestly yeah. don't, and I at that point our trucks were out, so I had no way to transport a sixteen foot ladder. So I was just like, yelled at him about that all that stuff. Yeah. But then I was like, just take the ladder, <laughs> just fucking take the ladder. I don't care. I wish you'd bragged about the length of your apartment. I should have, you but should have. I was so mad. You I was, think I don't have a sixteen foot long apartment. I got a thirty two long apartment. You can give me a second ladder, and I wouldn't blink. Yeah, but I got. I'll build a fucking train track in my apartment and do dolly shots on it. I got livid about him trying to fucking charge yeah. us for the stupid thing. But here's... So that's an ex- example, except for that little minor humiliation at the end of it. Most of that story is you stepping up and handling this conflict and winning right. it, right? Yeah. How often would you say in a week you have a conversation? Like that's, a, that's a slightly bigger one. But you're constantly having to have conflict with people over like... This has to happen. This has to happen. It's not conflict. That's not. It's mostly just me saying, "Here's what needs to happen." I think the only. The, but aren't the, you having? Aren't you on, uh, coming up against people saying like this can't happen or something else needs to happen that you're like, I don't think that should happen. Uh, maybe that would happen early on, but at this point, that's yeah. That's sort of what experience counts for. Where at this point, it's just like, yeah. Listen, here's how it's gonna work. I know this is gonna work this way. Here's what you're going to do. Here's how it needs to be done. And if someone has a problem with it, it sounds they like... They go through me. Well, or just, in my opinion, like, no, you're wrong. Here's yeah. the way that we're doing this. Yeah. So it's not conflict as much as it is... The thing that I've had to learn is how to be just very direct and yeah. say, nope, here's what we're going to do. You sort of have to, like, step boldly in production stuff and just say... Because as a yeah. producer or director, your job is just to say, nope, here's what the plan is. Everyone get in line. Let's, go, let's unite and go up to this plan. Yeah. The place you get in trouble is when you're like, well, what's the best way to do this? Oh, okay, what's your opinion? Okay. Yeah. Well, start, the moment you start being too accommodating is when things sort of fall apart. And then especially for me, if I start being too accommodating, that's when also things get too stressful. Yeah. And I've realized it's the, the least stressful thing is just to deal with everything head on. Yeah. But... Does it stress you out, those things, or are you just like, they're just things that have to be dealt with? No, they don't stress you out. It stresses you out when you try to, like, dance around them and be nice about it and be sort of like, okay, well, how can we make everyone happy? And, uh, oh, oh, you don't want to pick that up? Well, here, then I'll... It's much easier to be like, no, drive the truck here, pick this thing up, do this, come back here, return it by this time. Here's the money to do it. Would you say... How would you rank our... I know you don't want me to talk about it anymore. Okay. How would you rank our text message conflict in the past two months' worth of conflicts you've had? Does it rank highly, or is it... In terms of its, uh, the gunpowder associated with it, it barely registers. <coughs> well, <coughs> I mean, there was no question that even within that, it wasn't like there was ever a point where it was going to be like, oh no, JD and I are fighting, this is going to it was cause just damage. It was just a silly annoyance. It only ranks... Because I felt bad because you were a friend. <clears throat> but I, and I there was never I, a point where I thought it was going to escalate into anything other than just a practical difference of... Right. 
<coughs> opinion, but like sometimes you'll be in a fight with someone who you're friends with, and you'll worry that I'm like, oh, is this going to get ugly or something? I was not worried about that. It was more just like, JD's annoyed. Uh, Adam was annoyed with me at that moment for texting, and then I was like, ah, I just got to be clear about this. But this right. is, you know, but the thing is, if I think back of my like past month, uh, it was probably the biggest fight I've had. Oh yeah. Uh, no, I've had to deal with, and you've had, a and lot you've of, had to deal with a <laughs> lot of things. Also, with, also, it's different when you're dealing with people. I mean, I've probably had things with people on the subways or something like that. Uh, minor altercations. With I've had like that. a lot of yelling. I call it grown men yelling. Yeah. When adults yell about stuff. Yeah. It's usually because they're in the wrong. Yeah. And the only way then to, it's usually when they don't have logic, and so their only way of expressing their stress or their anxiety is by being angry getting emotional and yelling. Yeah. And I've had to deal with a couple people professionally that have been very combative. Yeah. And um, the sort of thing that I've had to learn is like, you teach people how to treat you. Yeah. And you teach people how to deal with you. Yeah. And so I've sort of had to learn like, if someone behaves like that and yells or comes at me, like, I sort of got to like... <laughs> put it out right then and like especially in with people like that that are sort of it's like an alpha thing you sort mm -hmm. of have to puff up your chest yeah and i hate doing it but yeah because it's i don't feel comfortable do you ever get a thrill it. from it do you ever is there ever a moment where you're like i'm winning at this i do afterwards i'm sort of proud of myself for yeah. being like but it has it happened has happened so often that it it's mostly just like it feels like the Bruce Banner kind of thing where you're just like, God, I don't want to have to become the Hulk. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to have to do that. And then afterwards, you're like exhausted by it, but you're like, well, at least we fought, you know, the Fantastic Four or whatever. I'm thinking of the one issue of where <laughs> the comic where the Hulk and the Fantastic Four fight and the right, thing yeah. in the Hulk showdown. That's not a good example of it, but I'm thinking of that comic. Because that's always like the thing in the Hulk. They're sort of like the same person. That'd be great to see him fight. Um, I don't know. I hate it. I hate adults yelling. If you have to yell at people, you're a chump. I don't know. It, like if you're right, you don't. That's the thing is, if you're right, you never have to yell. Yeah. You um, only have to yell when you're scared, or when you're wrong. Um. Where do you want to go today, JD? You said you have an errand to go on. Yeah, well, we have... I have an errand I need to go on. Yeah. Okay, so I might need to go meet up to watch a cut of something with someone, in which case you might have to do some... Fancy footwork. Some solo. Uh, or I might, we might track down a guest. Right. What, what time frame do you think that would be? Wait, which guest? Anybody. I can put the call out and say, like, who wants to come talk to me? Oh, yeah. I don't know. Uh, I, to, actually, I guess we have a time frame. Uh, Let me see. I can put some feelers out. 8 p.m. 8 p.m.? Ish, yeah. Okay, so that's no problem. I can definitely book a guest for our show for 8 p.m. tonight. Well, so... Is this the only show? Is this the only show that books its guests during, during the, the show? show? <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> but I'm like... I feel comfortably like, I bet we can get a, a guest for 8 o'clock yeah. tonight, because it's only 2.28 in the afternoon now. That's plenty of time to arrange. What area of town would I need to have them at? 
UCB area. Uh, It'll be around 28th Street. 28th Street and 7th Avenue. Okay, so near the... So I could go to the training center or someplace. Uh, That's like 10 blocks away. Okay, so closer to the theater? It's 28th Street, 7th Avenue. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, Yeah, I'll book a guess. Um, Yeah, what... Yeah. Um, That, yeah. Yeah. Um, But... We also have an exciting thing we have to do today. That's right. Should we say what it is or just do it? No, yeah, we should say what it is. Let's say what it is. We're not the, we don't do that. We don't. I mean, we could. Wait, we, let, me, let me see. Um, uh, JD's on his... Uh, and JD, do you have two computers there? You have a... I have two monitors, one computer. We have two keyboards there, because one's a laptop, right? Right, but this is an external keyboard connected to the laptop. Oh, okay, so, gotcha. Yeah. Um, um, okay, so, after last episode... Now, uh, I'll can I admit? Can I admit something that uh, you're not going to like? No, you're not going to dislike it. I'll preface what... Because uh, okay. we might be about to have our second fight. Yeah. Based on what you, I don't know what you're about to say. Um, but I've been saying View, uh, viewer listeners right now guess what I'm going to say that might cause kind of won't be mad about it he'll probably laugh about it um, I could not guess it I, I'll be amazed if anyone tweet your guesses now what did JD do that Connor doesn't realize JD did uh, that Connor will probably be annoyed at but probably laugh at and probably have noticed but not realize JD did it okay and the hashtag for this is hashtag that's my guess with the MI being in all caps. That's my guess. Uh, also, I've realized we hit a um, tipping point where we probably can't ask people to tweet at people anymore because we have so many people that do it. Yeah. Like last time I asked people to tweet at my friend Christian Spicer. Yeah. And so many people did it that it, I think it became an annoyance to him. <laughs> and I felt really bad about it. Did he? Oh. Don't tweet your apology. <laughs> no, no, no. Dear God, do not. Um, that was a good one, though. Um, and I like that it will never end. Like, there'll always be like a new person who might do it because they're just listening to that one. I know. I feel so bad. Christian's such a great guy, too. Yeah. This How is are your the, other podcasts going with him? I haven't, we haven't done them. All right, good. Um, um, but, okay, so I'll say this. As longtime listeners, viewers, uh, know that I've been predicting all year long that once we got to six episodes, that th- things would change for this podcast. Yeah. Because the first episode could have been a one-off. Could have just been a joke. We did it one time. That's how it was, etc. The second one, you know, just following through. I felt like six episodes in a year, that makes it a, essentially a bi-monthly, even though we didn't do it on that schedule, we, but we have one for every other month of the year. Right. And I felt like once we've done it, even if, I mean, we're not stopping it now, but even if we did stop it now, we did a year's worth of 12-hour podcasts. And that it, so many hours. Yeah. That I feel like it's, it, it can't be dismissed as a thing that we didn't do long-term. And we're not stopping it. We're not stopping it. Um, Ideally, I'd like to grow old doing this podcast. Yeah, it'd be great. Uh, I'd like to. I'd like to do the podcast for such a long time that the idea of what twelve hours means to people changes. Yeah. Over the course of that time. Yeah. Because um, we do think about time differently than we used to. Sure. When I was growing up, I think we. I, I. I was born into a world where there were three networks, 
people listen to the stuff on the radio, you know, like, and the, the media, I mean, people still listen to the radio, but it meant you something You didn't different. grow up in an era where people were listening to radio dramas on TV. No, not radio dramas, but FM and AM radio meant right. something different than they do now, where radio is more of a fluid term that includes, like, internet broadcasts. Uh, I mean, the interesting Can thing I is, say... Yeah. Um, I always think this. I feel like I was born at the exact age that straddled the pre-technology era and the post-technology era. Elaborate. Like, I grew up without the internet. Right. Me and too. then got the internet. Me too. You probably straddled it more. I got the internet. Because I grew up in... I remember CD... I feel like CDs became a thing. Yeah. In my... I remember Childhood. when CDs first were in stores, uh, when a lot of t- when you, when CDs first came out, they had the long boxes, right? Um, which were sort of uh, like LPs w- w- going to like cassette and eight track reduced album art, and when CDs came back, long boxes were sort of an attempt to recreate a little bit of the like a CD right. would arrive in a in a long uh, vertical box. But I also remember that some of the first CDs would be in like a clear long box type thing where you'd see the silver disc. It felt a little bit more computery, like you were buying a, a CD-ROM or a computer. You know, it felt like a didn't feel like a very warm format. Certainly, when the, when you have those like just clear packaging where you'd have the jewel disc at the top and a, a disc in the bottom. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I I guess I guess CDs run were, were around before I was born, but they be, didn't they didn't. Take over cassettes yeah. until where were you born? 88. Yeah, so CDs were around. I'm looking at the Wikipedia article now. CDs were around, but in 88, it was still... Cassette was still... Yeah, cassette and LP were, were still... Like, I remember in 88, um, like, you would have had... Uh, um, like, when Elvis Costello's Spike came out, that was the first album of his to come out in CD... Uh, cassette and LP and I believe like there was a bonus track in one of the formats that wasn't like the LP didn't have all the tracks the CD right. had a bonus track so they were trying to like encourage people to buy the CD right yeah so but right, I, everything changes right everything changes but because uh, I feel like if you're born after like 2000 yeah you're sort of just in in the technology era or but, in modern technology, right? We think I guess there's probably different generations to that, even. But like, I remember the internet being a thing that like we had to learn about in school. Of them being like, "All right, here's the internet." Yeah. Whereas, and like, there are only there there were only a few computers in our school that had the internet. That was so funny. Is that like it was like every yeah. other computer, or there was like five computers in our computer that had did, the internet because they needed a dial-up modem and right. such, you know. And it was like you would gather with four kids around it and look at, at like Netscape Navigator, and it would take like ten minutes to download one page about like. I miss Netscape Navigator. Old-fashioned cars. I love Netscape Navigator. Yeah. Um, I I mean I just this past week got my 1975 Sony HP 810 turntable repaired. I went to a place right uh, on the Upper East Side uh, called. Uh, Cosmophonic sound. It's a, there's this old Eastern European man who is like a craftsman. He's like an artisan. He fixes and he bring in old stereos, old record players, vintage things, and he will fix them. 
And he basically, this was the record player that belonged to my great aunt Arlie, my dad's aunt. Right. Uh, and when she died, it was in our house for a long time. And then when I, at a certain point, I just took this record player. No one was using it. And I've had it ever since. So this record player is the same age as me. And it's now been repaired by this guy. And it feels great. It's like I could have bought a new record player for the price of repairing it. but I would, And it would have been a lighter record player. But I think this will last longer. Like I think right. It already has lasted almost 40 years. Uh, and... But it's interesting the world in which I have this record player is so different from the world. When this record player was made, it was the top of the line uh, compact stereo. And it's huge and heavy. Right. And now I have a device in my pocket that has over 20,000 songs on it. That if you wanted 20,000 songs in 1975, you'd have to have quite a big collection of vinyl records. Right. Um, and just the idea of what the of of the internet and what how that changed things. Like for me, the internet was a thing that happened when I was in college. Uh, I remember going to my dad's office because his dad, my dad had uh, his office had um, internet. Yeah, and I would go into the office and there was an Elvis Costello homepage that a fan uh, had made and had like all bunch of interviews and discographies and stuff. I remember going into his office after after school and uh, or like late in the day because this was when I was in college I would go and I would print out stuff from that website and I would come home and I would have like a hundred pages of printouts of Elvis Costello interviews and stuff like that. Yeah, I remember my uncle got the internet and it was like a big deal. That makes no sense to a young child now. My uncle got the internet. Yeah, it was because like yeah. th- th- it was a rare thing, and he was the only person I knew they got the internet, and it was like sort of considered like a sort of lavish purchase. Yeah, but he was like in the advertising world, and he was like, oh, I want to get. And so, so I remember. It's so weird to try to explain that to yeah. like a ten-year-old now that someone would get the internet. They'd be like, "Oh, my uncle got milk." Well, like, you know, they'd, 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 they'd be like, "Oh, they, you got like the password for the Wi-Fi." Like, no, 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 Wi-Fi wasn't even a thing. Yeah, you had to have like a robot connected to a giant box that yeah. would like slowly. Read text out loud. Um, and I remember he found a copy of Star Wars A New Hope, the script, uh-huh. and he printed it out for me. Uh. And I, ha- I had that script, and I was just like, this is... How did someone get this how did, to me? How, how did this happen? Do you still have that printout? I do, at home. Yeah. I knew you did. There, just from the way you were talking about it, I knew there's no way JD ever threw this out. No, I have that Star Wars A New Hope script. I don't even think it was the actual screenplay. I think it was like a transcript. Transcription. Yeah. Of it. <laughs> um, so anyway, that was a good conversation about technology that spawned just off the fact that uh, right. w- we hope to keep doing 12-hour day. Uh, but I... So I predicted... My prediction was that after the sixth episode, that Wired Magazine would do a feature on 12-Hour Day. Right. Not a big feature, not an article, just like a little sidebar like, here's some cute things. We got a robot that does this, and we've got this podcast that does that. Which is such a weird thing, because Wired isn't like a big podcast. I don't know what Wired even writes about. <laughs> like, my saying that has been based on the idea, this idea I have of what Wired Magazine might write about. Um, so I've been, I had tweeted, uh, I was trying to sort of 
prime the pump a little, get Wired interested. I would tweeted who will be the first to write about 12-hour day, Wired or Boing Boing. Because I thought, like, I'll throw another suitor into the mix. Not that we're being courted and, by Wired. Okay, so you tweeted that from our account. I tweeted that from our account. Did hour. you notice anything about that tweet? No. Did you notice that it disappeared at one point? No. You deleted it? I did. Is it gone? No, I deleted it. And you redid it? No, I deleted it, and I think you redid it. I redid it? Yeah. Do you want to delete that one again? No, I deleted it because I was like, Connor, I don't, don't tweet at these people to get them to write our thing that's so... Just want to make them, they got so, it. That's so, that's such, <laughs> it's like such like a well, part of begging it is, for attention thing. I was like, no, let's create this thing and then let's want them to want to, like. But they got to know about it. Someone's got to tell them about oh, it. Oh, but not us. You know what I mean? I guess I would have Not felt, us. <laughs> and so like I saw that one night and I was like, oh God, Connor. And I deleted it. And, and I was like. I, re- I did a new And then one. two days later I realized it was back up again. And I was like. Ugh. I think I, I didn't realize you deleted it. I think I thought I had it hadn't <laughs> that's gone what through. I th- I realized that probably happened. It's like kind of uh, probably that didn't go through. Then I was like, sometimes I just, that will happen where I'll tweet something and I realize it's not there. Right. And uh, I was like, I was like, I just won't tell him. And I was like, it's not. It's ultimately not that harmful. Well, but I was, just, I was just like, God, can we not? To me, it doesn't. We're so desperate to beg these people to write about us. To me, part of it is that I. The joke of it is that I have this hunger for it. That I felt right. like it's okay to tweet about it because. I'm joking about it happening. So if it doesn't happen, it's almost... I was, I was treating it the same way as I was treating running for president or... Right. But the difference my... is, like, I feel like we're in much closer quarters with people that are writers for things like that and stuff like that that I'm just like... Yeah. It just puts people in a weird situation to be like, write about us. And it's like, no one's going to be like, oh, this podcast is begging me to write about them. Oh, perfect. I'll write an article. Uh, you gotta... You gotta... Spend money to make money. No, it's not. <laughs> that has nothing. That is no application. You got to lose dignity to get dignity. You got to <laughs> no, forfeit respect no. to get respect. <laughs> you don't have to lose dignity. You always have to do the opposite of whatever you want to get what you want. Um, <laughs> the um, you got to die to live, baby. Got to die to live. You got to starve to eat. Um, but so I deleted that. You deleted that. That's what I thought you might be mad about, is that I deleted I'm more surprised that you aren't mad that I reposted it. <laughs> no, I did repost it not realizing that you deleted it. And I deleted it and knew that you probably didn't realize that I deleted it. Well, because a lot of times I'll tweet from my BlackBerry and I'll do it like in the subway or something. I think I did that one maybe right. in the subway. And I'll think it's gone through and then I'll look and I'll realize, like, oh, it didn't tweet. And then other times... I'll tweet, and then it'll... I'll, I think it hasn't gone through, and then when I try to double-tweet it, it'll say, the request... It'll get a message saying the request has been Ta-da. heard, but it has been uh, not been granted. It's a, Twitter has this message where if you try to tweet the same thing, it'll say the the request has been understood, but it yeah. has not been. Yeah, we got it, but you've already done yeah. this. Uh, which is a great feature. It prevents you from double-posting. So. Right. So, anyways, Connor tweeted that, but then it created people tweeting at other publications, things like that, being like, maybe it should be this, maybe it's this. Yeah. And then it caused... Exactly what I hoped. No, it's not exactly what you hoped. It, it caused Guardian Angel and hilarious, amazing writer David Sims, mm-hmm. who writes for The Atlantic and was previously with AV Club, to yeah. go, I'll write about this, it. This tweet's on to something. Well, it wasn't, no, not, stop giving credit to your tweet. I'm, it was, he saw the tweet, yes, I'll give yeah. you that. Got but he was like, spinning. But he was like, you know what, I think he told me, he was like, I've been wanting to sort of 
do something about twelve hour day. Uh-huh. And so the, I just it was a just a little nudge. And it was just the it was just yeah all right I'll do it I'll be the one to do it. And so he asked his whatever he told he didn't ask I think he was just like I, the there's idea. a twelve hour there's a, yeah I think he pitched the idea and they're like okay. And so now today yeah we're going to meet up with David Sims of the Atlantic yeah. Is it Atlantic yeah. The Atlantic, yeah. Now, is it the Atlantic? He does he write for the Wire? Is I don't quite. He writes understand. for the Wire. The Wire is their. Um, I don't know what it, its relationship is. It's like a sister site, sort of, of the Atlantic's website. Atlantic Monthly is the publication, the print publication, right? Yeah, he is senior associate editor at the Atlantic. But a lot of his stuff goes on the Wire, right? Which is part of Atlantic's web yeah. dominion. Um, kind of a confusing name, I find, because when you say The Wire, everyone thinks of the uh, TV show, obviously. Um, but there's also a British music magazine called The Wire. Um, oh, what? Nothing. What are you looking at? Nothing. I, I'm not, I can't say it. Okay. Um, JD just had a big reaction to something you can't talk about. There's a countdown timer on something that was not going by seconds. It was going so much slower. Uh-huh. It was driving me insane. Oh. Um, but I... So we're going to... The interview for the article is going to happen during the episode. It's going to happen now. It's going to happen right now? we got to go. Where at? We're going to go meet David at his apartment in Brooklyn. Okay. He says he's on sort of a tight schedule today. Okay. And so he's like, if you guys could come here by like 3.30... Which we probably won't be able to make it by three thirty. No, but we can. But we can leave now and make close. Yeah, I'm gonna go to the bathroom really quick. Um. Oh wait, here's another uh, quick question. Yeah. Do you think it's okay for me to invite other people to our screening tonight? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, well, that's another thing. This podcast is going to end with um, JD and I. Well, we can talk about this when we're. Um, Traveling. Um, yeah. Do you want to talk for a second to cover the sound of me having to urinate? Yeah, absolutely. Oh. Um, so we're going to go talk to David here, and it should be a fun old time. <laughs> I just, whenever I have to cover up time, I, it sounds like a, some like a comedian desperately trying to stretch on stage. Um, I'm going to email right now the Chris Gethard show friends um, to invite them all to come to the screening tonight, which Connor and I are doing. Um, fun holidays. Connor um, really likes Christmas stuff, huh? He uh, has his iPad here, and he's got a <laughs> a whole Christmas playlist. He's a big Christmas guy. People have asked if we were going to uh, this time out um, uh, witness Connor putting up his decorations, but my guess is they're already up at this point. We'll have to figure out. My only Christmas decoration I have is one thing that my mom sent me. Are your Christmas decorations up yet? No, I actually, uh, it's a sad reality is that this year I haven't had time to put up my Christmas decorations. So I'm going to have to skip this year. You're going to skip this year? I have to. But you have a whole area in your apartment dedicated to it. Yeah, 
Well, I've had to skip a few years ago. I had to skip it. The main reason I'm having to skip it is because I have had, I've been unusually busy the past few weeks with different projects, just more projects than I usually have. And um, the now I'm getting re ready to, later this week, I'm going to be leaving town for a job that I booked. And I won't get back until it's time to go to Missouri for Christmas. And so I've just hit this point where I'm like, I would, in order to do it, I would, because I also have to finish, like, in order to make, in order to get my tree out and all my decorations, I have to, um, what are we screening tonight, by the way? Uh, Christmas Eve on Sesame Street. Um, in order to get my decorations up, I would basically have to spend all of the time, all of the very little amount of free time that I have this week doing nothing but that. And so it's sad to me, but um, I, it just caught me off guard this year. And, and I would get a lot of use out of it because, as you know, I kept my Christmas decorations up until yeah. February or March last year. But to me, if I don't get December out of it, then it is insane for me to put out Christmas decorations just for January and February. That feels insane to me. That's a line I won't cross. Uh, yeah. Yet. yet. Like, I, I like keeping my decorations up once I have them up. But if I miss the Christmas window, then you're just a crazy person. Uh, that's what I feel anyway. I mean, I, I wouldn't judge myself too harshly if I decided to do it. It's my apartment. I can do what I want. But... I would feel weird putting them up now, then leaving town, coming back on the 26th, and then I got, I'd get like three days out of it, and then it would just be like post-Christmas Christmas decorations. Yeah. Um, but, so yeah, so the screening we're hosting tonight is Christmas Eve on Sesame Street, which I haven't seen in a long time. Uh, it was made in 1978, so it's... Prime classic Henson Sesame Street. I know that there's a running arc through it that is the gift of the Magi with Bert and Ernie. That's the main part I remember from it. Do you remember that? Yes. Yeah, that's the Real main weird. running thread through it. It's great. It's the one where uh, Mr. Hooper yeah. shows up. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, and you're inviting people, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to invite a couple of people. I'm inviting the whole Gethard show. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we're going to head to Brooklyn and be interviewed for this article about the podcast. Um, I wonder who I should book for a guest for 8 o'clock tonight to talk to. Um, got a lot of options. It's hard. You have to think on your feet while you're recording this because anything that happens is a part of the podcast. Like even just uh, making certain decisions about what's going to happen later. Uh, we we can't you can't stop the once the train's moving. Any decision making becomes a part of the thing that people are listening to. Um. You like this Jeffrey Brown book, Clumsy? 
yes, I love it. Do you know? Do you like Jeffrey Brown? Yeah, I love Jeffrey Brown. He went to my uh, high I school. met him a couple of times. Yeah, he went to my high school. Yeah, um, he's a nice guy. Uh, I'll tell you a cool thing. Yeah, uh, Jeffrey Brown, uh, and you know Jeffrey Brown. You know what he's doing at the moment, right? Have you seen his Star Wars books? Uh, no. This makes me so happy. It's one of those things like when you see someone who is a, um, you know, like when you'll see someone who's like a uh, underground sensation or they do a certain kind of comedy that clearly doesn't pay the bills and then you'll see them like book a big part, they'll get a thing and you'll be like, oh, I'm glad that this person who's like suffered for their art and has operated at a lower level gets like a really nice gig. Do you ever get that feeling? Yeah. Like I'm trying to Sorry, think of a good example. What time is our screening? Our screening is at uh, around midnight. Around midnight. Midnight, twelve fifteen ish. I'm trying to think of a good example. Um, I mean, like for example, seeing something like Bob Odenkirk uh, getting a role on Breaking Bad and then getting a spinoff of Breaking, getting his own like thing. That it feels like, oh, this is a guy who's been like a cult comedy hero. He's been all these like involved in all these amazing things, but. It's nice to see him land this big thing that isn't one of his like struggling projects. It's like a big prestige project that people are excited about. Like, uh, I mean, everyone, everyone in our circles knows Mr. Show, but it never right. was a mainstream hit. It was always hard to find. It's one of those like that has snowballed over the years that more people know it now than knew it when it was on. Uh, but you feel like but it's exciting when you see someone that you admire who maybe operated at like a, a cult level when they get a, a big thing that is also a good thing, that it's not like a sellout thing. It's not like one of those things where it's like, oh, you got a big paycheck being in this movie that's not as good as your other movies, but when, they, when you see them land a big job that is successful but also maintains their level of quality. Well, Jay, uh, uh, um, Jeffrey Brown, who has all these great autobiographical comics, Clumsy was his debut graphic novel. Um, he has other ones like Unlikely and uh, a whole series of um, uh, um, comics that you can find. But he also started doing things like at one point he did a thing that was kind of like his version of the Transformers. It was kind of like those books kind of did a little bit better. And then at a certain point he, he got... Uh, I remember at one point he did a Wolverine comic. That, I was about to bring this up to you. That's one oh, of my favorite things. That it never got published. Yeah, did you read it online though? Yeah. That was one of my favorite ones. It's, and I was like, Marvel, why won't you publish this? This is uh, awesome. What's it called? It was called uh, Wolverine, like, Hurting Time or something? Yeah, yeah. It was about yeah. him feeling bad. Well, basically, he, like, is super depressed, and then zombies come. Yeah. And then, basically, he cuts himself. He's so depressed that he, like, cuts himself. Yeah. But he always heals. Yeah. It's like this really sad... It's great. If you can find it, it's out there. But I couldn't believe, like, Marvel... Like, I think Marvel now probably would publish it, but I was like, at the time, Marvel was sort of, like, cease and desist. I'm like, this is not unprecedented that you get an alt... Well, a similar thing happened, actually. There was a, there was a really cool Dan Klaus comic. They, uh, um, Marvel and, and DC, over the years, every now and then, they'll get into a mood where they'll, like, let some funny alternative cartoonists do, like, riffs on their characters. Like, I know Peter Bagg has done, like, Spider-Man stories and Hulk stories for, for Marvel that are funny. But there was a collection of Bizarro comics that DC put out that Dan Klaus did a cover for it that was, like, previewing, like, fake contents inside the comic. But it was all, like, like Batman at his therapist or, like, 
Superman feeling lonely or having like a lonely afternoon or something. They were all like sad versions of the DC superheroes. And then DC like shit canned the uh, the cover. They didn't they didn't run the Dan Klaus cover that Chip Kid Chip right. Kid was the editor. He commissioned it. I think Chip Kid quit the project because they wouldn't run the Dan Klaus cover. And he's like, you don't ask Dan Klaus to do a cover. Have him turn in something this great and then tell him no. Like that's not the way we're running right. this. Um, but so Jeffrey Brown, he started doing Star Wars uh, comics that are funny. And they're officially like oh, really? Lucasfilm. He has a couple of, a couple of real hit books. Um, actually, anytime someone is on, anytime someone is a guest on the George Lucas talk show, the show that I do monthly at UCB East, where I, it's a talk show where I host as George Lucas. From the very first show, anytime someone is a guest, I make thank you postcards out of the Jeffrey Brown book of, of Star Wars postcards. And I write a note from, from George Lucas to the guest just thanking them for being on the show. He came up with a book called um, uh, Vader and Son, which is just, the book is a small little square book, and each page is a one-panel gag of Darth Vader with, like, baby Luke Skywalker. And it's, like, little cute, funny, Star Wars-related. Right. Um, it's almost like What If Family Circus took place, and it was, like, Darth Vader and baby Luke Skywalker. Right. And then he came out with one called uh, Vader's Little Princess, and it's about about little baby Princess Leia, and it's all like father-daughter uh, uh, comics. And then he has a third book that is... Uh, um, let me get the titles of these right. But uh, this is just like... It, it makes me so happy. These books do really, really well. And it makes me so happy to be like, oh, this is probably a thing that's like super fun to him. It's like a dream come true, and it probably is like how he's making his living is doing these. Like these are a big payday compared to your own like autobiographical comics, you know. Um. Um. But he has a couple that are also. I think Scholastic puts out Chronicle Books puts out the Vader and Son, Vader's Little Princess books. Good Night Darth Vader is the most recent one. It's kind of like a Good Night Moon one, right? Chronicle Books puts out those, but Scholastic has started putting out these ones that are like more like full comic books that are the adventures of like the Jedi Academy, but they're funny. Um, and they have books of postcards, and they have books of... Um, I think there might be calendars. Um, it's just so satisfying to me, because he's such a good cartoonist. He has a real... real um, Kind of primitive style of drawing, I would say. Like, it's a rough around the edges. It's not a... Uh, it's a very appealing style of drawing. It's very... I find it... Like, he... There's a lot of feel in the way he draws things. Um, and a lot of humor in the way he draws things. But also a lot of sadness. Yeah, I I really appreciate all of his work because it's very... Yeah. Um, honest. Yeah. But in a way that is... Yeah. Like I, th- can, I think some people are... Have honest stuff, but it's heightened emotions. Yeah, his stuff is like, honest. That's what his, those are what his Star Wars comics look. I like. love that. They're great. You'd love these. Yeah, I mean, I, I love Jeffrey Brown. Yeah, and ba- okay, so one of my great teachers in high school uh-huh. was John O'Connor, and he's uh, an amazing haiku poet and amazing, just a really great teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, and he organized this thing called the Literary Festival at our high school. Mm-hmm. Our high school is also like. 
a very large high school that a lot of very successful people have come from. Uh -huh. We sort of organized this literary festival where he got all these different writers to come and speak about their thing. Yeah. And you would sign up and go to different whatever ones you wanted throughout the day. Yeah. And it was just, you'd spend your day going and listening to these people speak. And one of the people he got to come was Jeffrey Brown. Awesome. And so it was really cool because Jeffrey Brown came and talked about comics and all this stuff. And like, there weren't that many people who knew, because I think it was the same time as like, what's his name from Wilco? Mm-hmm. Tweedy? Yeah, Jeff Tweedy or someone had his was also speaking as part of the literary festival. Yeah. Because he was also from our high school. Yeah. Or something like that. And so... Oh, they were scheduled at the exact same time? Right. So there was like, most people went to that, and a lot of, like only like the real diehard... The ones who really cared about Jeffrey Brown ones at the Jeffrey Right, Brown and one. so there was like maybe like 12 of us. Yeah. And he was really cool, and we got to talk about all this stuff, and then he, he passed out all of his sketchbooks... Yeah. ...that we could just flip through. Yeah. And it was like... Those were like some of the funniest things I've seen of his. It's just these like... Because all this stuff is like pen drawn, very simple. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, and then he gave us a little, uh, gave me a little flip comic book of his thing, and then he signed it by doing a little drawing in it. I mean, JD and I are both actively recommending to you to seek out the comics of Jeffrey Brown. Uh, you almost can't go wrong. I think if you picked a book of his at random, you'd be all right in terms of. Uh, He's just, I, I was at a similar, a similar kind of event uh, probably a decade ago or so when um, he, was, he, was doing, he was speaking somewhere and doing a signing. And it was a similar kind of thing where, you know, in the world of uh, writers and cartoonists and particularly in the world of, I would say, alternative Cartoonists, um, the kind who the, the kind of people who get published by like Fantagraphics or Drawn and Quarterly, or I think a lot of stuff that Jeffrey Brown uh, Jeffrey Brown's been published by a number of different publishers, but like um, Top Shelf published a couple of his things. I know, um, but the even the ones who have a big following, you don't necessarily attract a, a big crowd at a signing. Like like right. Even someone who's a superstar like Chris Ware, uh, I'm sure has events that just through circumstances you don't get a huge turnout for. Right. You know? Uh, and then they'll have other events where everyone shows up for them. You're wearing your lady coat. I am wearing the lady coat. Uh, if you want to know what, what that is a reference to, I think if you search for my name and my new winter coat, you will see uh, a video that I posted. This is a coat that my sister gave me years ago. Basically, Connor, one of the defining characteristics of Connor, when I first met Connor, one of the things he was most known for was his lady coat. His sister gave him a coat that the cut of it sort of seems like a women's cut of a coat. Yeah. And the, it's cinched at the waist in a way that's not masculine. Right. <laughs> and so, was it, was it Dinah was the first one to call it the lady coat? Oh, no. She was a big perpetrator of calling it that dynamo. Yeah. yeah. I remember one of the things about Connor <laughs> that I knew was like, oh yeah, Connor, it's got the lady coat. Yeah. Well, I did a contest because my sister gave me this coat and she got it. She was working for Armani at the time. And she went to like what's called a sample sale. And I believe this was a 
<laughs> my theory, this is a DKNY, a Donna Karen coat. But it's a man's just, coat. And the sorry, way you know it's a man's coat is the defining, for those of you who don't know this, the way that you define certain... <laughs> the gender of... The gender of, of a buttoned or zipped thing is that the buttons go on one side for women and on a different on the opposite right. side for men. And this is sort of one of the weird <laughs> rules. I don't know what the history of that is. Maybe someone will post something about the history of how that came to be. But um, I believe that this is a coat that was never available in stores. And I think that it was because someone probably looked at it and was like, well, that's a man's coat, but it looks like a woman's coat. And my sister got this for me, and I tried it on, and I started laughing immediately, and I came out of the room, and I said, this is at my sister's apartment in uh, Jersey City. Right. And I said, wow. I said, Brian, I want to thank you for this lovely women's coat. <laughs> uh, and she's like, it's not. It's not a woman's coat. I said, it looks like a woman's coat. But then what I noticed was, it's really warm. Like, I've never had, when it's bitter cold in New York City and you're walking around, first of all, when you open it up, it's not that warm. Like, like it's one where if you suddenly are inside and it's warm, you know, you have to navigate right. the temperatures. When you open it, it's not so heavy that I feel uncomfortable inside a warm building. Like, right now I'm in your apartment, I don't feel too warm wearing this coat. I just <laughs> okay. put it on to go outside. When we go outside, it doesn't let uh, the cold in at all. The hood is very warm. It has pockets that are real convenient for me. Um, and I also do have a thing, which is that when people give me a gift that is an item of clothing, I have a certain sentimental attachment to it as well, which is just like, <laughs> oh, my sister gave me this coat. Like, there's, right. a, there's an element of, like, uh, honoring that gift by... Sure. I mean, also, I've, I also found it funny, but also if this coat wasn't comfortable or if it also wasn't warm, then I would not have worn it. Um, but I posted a thing early on where I said, on the one hand, this does look like a lady's coat. On the other hand, more than any other coat I've ever owned, it bears a resemblance to the coat that Han Solo wears on the planet, on the ice planet. <laughs> um, I think that's when I was like, oh yeah, Connor and I are going to be friends. Yeah. So I did an online poll and I let it run for a week, I think, where I said... Uh, Lady Coat or Han Solo on Hoth. Right. Han Solo on Hoth won by a sizable margin. And if you look at the video for my new winter coat, you'll see me doing a couple of poses that are... Because it is kind of like... The coat that Han Solo wears in Empire Strikes Back on the planet right. Hoth is a little bit effeminate. Like, it's a little bit of a lady coat-looking thing that he's wearing. But he can carry it off because he's Han Solo. He's one of Don't the cool- do that to Han. No, what I'm saying is Han Solo was so cool that you could put him in a, in a frilly dress and he would still look like a oh, tough guy. Wait, we have to talk. About what? The trailer. Oh, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. We got, a lot of, we got a lot of time to cover. We got to talk about that new trailer. I haven't talked to you about it, have I? No. Um, I've got a lot of thoughts. Uh, so anyway, Han Solo and Hoth won by... A landslide. I was actually stunned because I would have thought normally when you give people the option of uh, self-deprecating, yeah. one that is insulting and one that is, but people, I was like, well, I can't believe it. Hansel and Hoth won. But once I announced the results, since then I've rarely encountered a person who says it looks like Hansel and Hoth. Like it was one of those things where it was kind of like the election in two thousand, where it was like <laughs> it was close, 
But then once it happened, like immediately people were like, oh, why is Bush president? Right. Like you saw a lot of people who, uh, who didn't vote who suddenly were like coming out of the woodwork to let you know like how unhappy they were. Right. Um, so once Han Solo and Hoth won the dispute, I, I have to say that it is pretty clear that the actual, if there was an honest representation of what most people feel, there were people who didn't participate in that particular uh, uh, voting who made it known afterwards that they felt this looked like a lady coat. Right, like legitimately it's... A legitimately, more... that is the... I would, the election results did not reflect the electorate. They did not reflect the lady codedness. Yeah. Okay, how do I carry this? I'll help. I have a bag, too. <sighs> What's the best way to in? do this? Right I... now it's just a technical moment where we... What things do we have to carry? Uh, just the recorder. I've, I've, I've gotten it down to being just that. Just the recorder. Are we good? Everything's good? Do we have batteries? Uh, yeah, I got us lithium batteries today. So lithium batteries? Might be, I, I have these as backup, which okay. you bought from last time, Great. I believe. I think. So we'll hold on to these. Right. Okay. Let me, let me go through my various bags and see which one is going to be the best. Which is the best bag? Um, carry all of this stuff. I did a bit at the at the George Lucas talk show last Friday. Am I ever going to be going to get to be a part of the George Lucas talk show? I thought you were coming to this one. I was going to incorporate you. Really? Uh, yeah. Why, why do you think I was coming to this one? Because you clicked that you were attending. Oh well. I've also. I thought you were going to come celebrate Life Day with us, and I thought, oh, I'll get JD involved in this. You should have told me I would have come. Yeah. Why I um I also don't you know. Don't. Yeah. Oh, because you're not on the performer page. But you would have I would have you would have just walked in with me. I just want to avoid that whole thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that whole awkward like uh I uh Um What I'll say is uh, it was not a well attended. I've had a couple that have been really well attended, right? And I've had a couple where I'm like, "Oh, they're not going to let me do this one again." What, what was this one? Oh, they're not going to let me do this one again. How many people showed up? A dozen, maybe. Oh no! But it was raining really hard. Like when I got it there, was. The, the hot chicks room was empty when I got there. I was like, "Oh no!" And also, this was the first show of our run. Like we have a monthly run. The first, <laughs> the first Friday. I've been doing it month to month. Right. The, but now I have a run where it's the first Friday of every month. And it's very troubling to me that this first one was so poorly attended because I thought it being a holiday special, everyone gets most excited about the Star Wars holiday special. That's the question. I I've will been... say you have very bizarre expectations about how certain things in the world work like that. Why? Like you, you sometimes treat things like, like television specials from the 80s where you're like, Oh no! This one's going to be better because we have uh, well, guest we, starring. We have so and so, so and it's like. Uh, well, I think <coughs> we had good. We had really good guests for this one because I had Ben Rameka, who's on Alpha House, <coughs> which is Excuse Gary me. Trudeau's uh, sitcom on Amazon, uh, and uh, Fran Gillespie, uh, who's currently writing for Howard Stern, and uh, Franz Nicolay, uh, formerly of The Hold Steady, as the musical guest. I thought, okay, this is a great lineup of guests. What, is this, what does this have to do with what you just said? About the turnout? No. About, oh, about uh, Han Solo? No. Oh, yeah, this is sort so of yeah, Han, Han Solo. Solo. No. He's holding up a leathery jacket. Um, this was given to me by uh, 
the costume designer for the last show I was on, who was also the costume designer of Alpha House, oh. who gave us all of, who was had all of his clothes from Alpha House. So this is an Alpha House leather jacket that he gave to me. What character was that? I have no idea. All right. But um, he was like, he was like, he was like, you'd look good in this. Take this. And I was like, really? He's like, yeah, this is my gift to you. And it was one of the nicest things. That's really nice. Yeah. That that ties into like three things we were just talking about. Yeah. That coat ties into uh, Alpha House. It ties into Lady Coat. It ties yeah. into Han Solo. Um, and just, cart- and also cartoonists that I've met because Gary Trudeau. I spent hours with Gary Trudeau when he was signing his uh, uh, box set a few years ago, okay. or his slipcase uh, anniver- Junesbury anniversary release. Um, but anyways, no, uh, uh, I thought because, you know, like, we, we did the George Lucas Halloween special right. at Chelsea, and it did really well uh, because it was a Halloween show. Right. And I was like, oh, it's December. The one thing that I've been most consistent, whenever I ask someone during the show, like, do you have a question for George Lucas? Everyone has asked about the holiday special. That's what they right. want to talk. It's like, in the world of comedy in Star Wars... The holiday special is kind of like the biggest comedy joke. Right. Because it's notoriously like bad. Lucas hated it. In my version of Lucas, Lucas has come around to liking it because my version of Lucas wants to work in comedy. So like right. he's in on the joke now. Um, but I thought having it be a Life Day celebration would really like boost the numbers. But it didn't. Um, but that was not the case. The show went really well. It was a really good show. Um... But uh, here's one thing. Have you posted it on like Star Wars message boards and stuff? I've tried to do that. I've contacted other Star Wars websites. No one will contact me back. Like I've contacted the Force.net a couple times. What's wrong? Nothing. I think that's so funny. That yeah. you're, you're saying this with like exasperation of like these assholes. Well, I just thought like I've tried to get in touch with other Star Wars fan sites to say like there's this show. It's in New York City. It's Star Wars related. Maybe you want to like tell some of your uh, uh, people who go to your website that, that you know I've had these people like I've had like good guests like good musical guests good guests from the world of comedy and TV shows like I would think if I ran a Star Wars website I mean I know they got a lot to talk about right now so yeah. this month in particular is not like a dr- slow news day for Star Wars but it's you know but this is something so where that's, it's like... So that's, that's the good and bad part of a con, is that right now, Star Wars is back in vogue. Yeah. But that means that all these Star Wars outlets are less interested in your show. Yeah. But so I just thought, like, I've had so many people from, like, SNL or other things like that as guests that that, that would be something like, hey, Well, Star you know what you need to get? Who? Someone from Star Wars. Yeah. Which you had the opportunity to. Who? From, I'm not going to blow who it is. What? Hate when this happens. You're um, you're not good at mouthing. Well, this is a hard one to mouth because it's all. Um, um, wait, I'll do this. Yeah, 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 yes, 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 yeah. yes, 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 yes. It's hard. That's a hard name to mouth. Yeah, because right? it's just it's just just vowels. Breathy, um, breathy yeah. vowels. Um, that still could happen. He just hasn't been in town. Uh, right. When I've been doing a show. Um. I think that will happen. Okay. I have faith that it will happen if I continue to be able to do the show. Um, but also, I've been... I, I don't think this was an... I think it was mostly the rain. Uh, but... Uh, Blame it on the rain. Uh, also, I've been personally paying to print postcards for these shows. Right. And 
I foolishly didn't do it for this month because I, now that I've got to run, UCB will print out postcards for a show. Right. And uh, they didn't. They still haven't happened, so I didn't have postcards for this month. So I'm like, oh, I lost out on that. Uh, that for this, which that could have helped a little. Right. Also, there were different people who either didn't know it was on, or um, like John Henry tweeted during the show, oh, no, I'm at Chelsea, I'm stupid, I missed it. John Henry has come to all of the shows dressed in character and has been a big supporter of the show, and he just was the wrong one, which there's nothing I do about that. All I did for a month was tweet, go to UCBs for this show. Right. So there's, I don't think there's another way that I could have made it more, it's just like a mistake. You're saying it's John Henry's fault. You're blaming him. I do blame John Henry. I think he would agree with me. I don't think he would think it was unfair or malicious for me to say John Henry was the one at fault in that scenario where he went to the wrong place. So you're, acting, it, you're I, actively just attacking your fans. I'm right? attacking him, and uh, he can take it. Uh, <laughs> but I will also say that I understand why, because we, have been, we haven't had a consistent time and place. Right. Uh, we've been going back and forth, and the previous show was at Chelsea. Oh, was it? Yeah, the, the Halloween show was at Chelsea. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, but now we're at ECB East. First Fridays of every month. Our next one is January 2nd. I hope someone will come to it because I'd like to keep doing this show. Uh, I think if we keep doing it, eventually, I think I'll be able to get uh, either J.J. Abrams or George Lucas to be on the show. J.J., uh, uh, um, J.D., uh, you just smiled when I said that because I think you think that that won't happen. Uh, you Every now and then, I say something that makes you laugh because you think that I have unrealistic expectations for what's possible in the world. Well, you just, uh, honestly, no. <laughs> it's that you have very... I always think good things are going to happen You have very you. predictable expectations for things. Well, on the one hand, like I'm, I lack ambition in some respects. I was just talking to you about, like, oh, I need to get an agent or a manager. I'm like, yeah, you're right, you do. Right. But I'm more likely to be like, oh, I need to get George Lucas or J.J. Abrams to be on my... Right. My... Midnight show at UCB East. Exactly, which I think can be, which is a less real, which is less realistic than me getting an agent. Yes. But I tend to view me getting an agent as less realistic than me getting George Lucas to appear on the George Lucas talk show. Right, and you see, yeah, you rally behind very specific things. Yeah, and I don't rally behind things that I probably should be like putting my energy into. Right. This is true. Like. I'll rally behind getting Wired to write a piece for us. Which paid off. That tweet really paid off. Look at us. We're heading to Brooklyn to be interviewed before the Atlantic, which is better. This is true. Where'd my cell phone go? Um, I don't know where your cell phone is. Oh, it's in my pocket. That's where it is. Um, So let's talk about... Oh, I'll tell you this before we talk about the trailer. So in this last George Lucas talk show... I did a thing at the top of the show, which is I said, "Wait, sorry." I sang the song from the Life Day special, the, a, a version of the song that Carrie Fisher sings at the end of it. Okay. In lieu of doing a monologue, I sang the "We Celebrate a Day of Peace, a Day of Harmony" song. Uh, but the the music that I did, the backing track, was a thing that I had edited using the uh, Christmas in the Stars Star Wars album. Okay. I used that as a bag and try, so it was a little bit faster. And I didn't do a monologue, in part because I said, I've done this a couple, at a couple of different George Lucas talk shows where I will have Lucas bail on doing a top right. of a monologue because the news is so awful that it's terrible to do Right, that he Wars says there's no, there's no way to make this. Yeah, which a part of me I do genuinely feel. I feel like if I had a real talk show, 
there'd be times where I would step out and be like, guess what? No monologue tonight. Um, yeah. Actually, no monologue all this week because yeah. uh, this is a, I don't want to, there are times when the news, I mean, the news is always bad, but there are times when it's so bad that it would feel artificial to me to be like, well, let's find some lighter news stories to do about right. it and ignore these big things. I just would feel like I don't know how to do it. I, I respect the all these talk shows that are able to somehow keep doing shows during the weeks where it feels like everything is on fire. Uh, that's a real particular skill. I don't think I'd be good at it. Yeah. Um, um, what did I almost forget? That would have got us in a lot of trouble. The charger? The power cable. The power. The power. Never forget the power. Where the power... McFly! Those boys don't work on water. Yeah, unless you got power. The power of love is the main theme song from the McFly, back. you bozo. Do you keep these or do you pop them? Uh, I don't do either. I throw them out and don't pop them. You don't pop them? No, you can pop it. All right. I, you know what? I'll puncture them. I won't pop them. I'm gonna put, these are just um, packing things that JD has. Oh, I, I guess it did. Normally I do it with um, something that doesn't make a noise. Jesse Vandenberg says hello. Hello, Hi, Jesse. I invited him to uh, our screening tonight. Oh, good. Um, so, this is. Um, I opened this last show with um, the I'm song, and then I said, well, God, this we're not going to do a. terrifies me. The power? No, just all this. You could have forgotten it? No, just all this stuff. There's so much stuff associated with this show. Yeah. It all fits in one bag, though. I know, but that's the thing is it barely does. Yeah. And I'm constantly concerned that it's all going to... So it's just loose in this bag. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, that one thing might hit a button and then it will stop recording? Yeah. I'm always worried about that with this microphone. Um... Have we tested? Have we tested, tested, tested to see if it's... Uh, yeah, but see, that's why I have these headphones. I can always check what's yeah. recording. Um, so I, did, I didn't do the monologue, and then I said, well, I said, let's get right to it. Everyone's... I assume everyone has seen the trailer. Audience got excited. I said, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm really excited. I think this is going to be... I think that the trailer is amazing, and I think this is going to be a great film. I think it's probably going to be, it's easily the most anticipated film of 2015. Uh, and I don't know where this is going. Yeah, and so then I play the trailer for the movie Strange Magic, uh, which was released recently. Have you seen that trailer? Yeah, I have. What do you think, J.D.? Uh, it looks like a sad, I mean, you're the one that told me that story, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, that's also a very great story. Yeah, it's a story I can't tell on this podcast. Right. Because it's not my story to tell. But let me just, what I will say is that, Strange Magic is a movie that George Lucas wrote the story for. It's a Lucasfilm uh, CGI animated musical about fairies who live in the woods. And um, I had knowledge of this movie's existence um, for many years, before there was ever any um, public acknowledgement that this movie was happening. I knew that George Lucas was developing a CGI animated musical about fairies who live in the woods. Right. And I had a very funny story about how I knew that. This is a weird blind item because we can't tell anything about it. We can't tell anything about it. That's enough, just the fact that I knew that this was a thing that was happening. But I kind of doubted that it would ever become public knowledge because 
like imagine hearing hearing that George Lucas is developing a CGI animated musical about fairies who live in the woods, and then for years not hearing anything, having no confirmation of this. Well, it was like back. I remember hearing the rumors growing up that they're going to make Frank and Weenie into a feature-length movie. Yeah, yeah. And it was always like, what? Okay, well, why would that? Why would I think that's going to happen? But in this case, at least you knew that Frank and Weenie as a short subject was a thing that was real, so that you could be like, well, I can imagine that because it is a property that exists. Right. That could someone could have the ambition to want to expand it. I had no knowledge except this story that I'd heard. Right. Uh, which was a third-hand story, but a verifiable one, if I could name names. And so, 2010, there was an, an article on, uh, I think, the Playlist blog okay. about George Lucas is developing a CGI animated musical about fairies who live in the woods. And I was right. like, okay, it's, it, like, it's verified that this is in development in, at some level. Right. And then, nothing. Literally, no... I googled this, like, six months ago to see has anything happened with this thing and the only article I could find was from 2010 so I'm like obviously this just never happened right then all of a sudden like a month or so ago it's announced that not only is it happening it's done it's ready and it's coming out in January and no one knew about it right even though it has like great actors in the voice cast like Alan Cummings and uh, uh, Maya Rudolph there's all these like big name people in it and it's just ready to go it's going to be out in theaters and so I aired the trailer for this. I showed the trailer for this at the top of my show the other night. And it's long. It's a long trailer. <laughs> it didn't go over very well. Oh, really? I mean, I, I think... Well, it, it's, like, it's like also the joke's over after they see that it's not. Yeah. But I was also like... I sort of didn't care. I was like, I want... Uh, I want uh, to show this whole thing now. I don't care if it doesn't I don't care if it kills momentum for the whole show I was kind of like I just want to show this uh and what actually got the biggest laughs were when I at the end of it when I started saying this is real I I'm not this is a real thing that's happening because I think people were watching it thinking I was this was like a a made-up bit like people who weren't familiar with it were wondering like what's funny about this spoof that Connor has edited uh just so you know, listeners, JD and I are now, we've left JD's apartment, which is where we've been for the past several hours, uh, and we are heading toward the train. What you hear right now is the sound of the, uh, of the, either the Q or the N train, which is above ground here, uh, in this part of Astoria. JD is on his phone, either emailing or texting, and we're about to pass the Euro Market, which is a common fixture uh, long-time listeners and viewers will know that we've been in the Euro market and we've walked past the Euro market. Fine European foods available right here in Astoria. Uh, there's an ATM if you don't have cash on you, and they, I believe, also accept payment through credit or debit cards. We just lost our interview. We did? No, no. Not for good, but we just for can't today? do it today, probably. Oh, no. Where are we going to go? You can't do it? Uh, yeah. Not today. Oh, boy. That's okay. Did we blow the story? No, no, no. Um, it also doesn't have to be in person. You know? Is there another time we can do it? Yeah. 
So I'm going to be out of town from this Thursday on. Well, where should we go to? We've, we've walked out into the world. I know. What should we do? Um, we should go on an adventure. Yeah, where do you want to go? Well, where's some place we haven't gone before? Up with nowhere to go now. JD? Yeah. Well, we should get lunch. Alright. Where do you want to go get lunch? Anywhere you want. No, no, no. That's it. Being the person that you are, I'm bestowing it onto you. Where's the first place in the city that you like to get lunch? I don't. In my apartment, but it's too messy. No. Where, you, you eat out once in a while? Very rarely. Where do you like to go? Oh, I don't even. I mean. I don't even know how to answer that. The places I like are all closed. What? What? What does that mean? That was such a Eeyore answer to that question. Like every place I've ever wanted to go is no longer exists. Um, well, let's map it out. So, like right now, it's three thirty. The next place you have to be is at eight. Is at eight. Um, hard to say. I know... Well, let's get out at the first possible stop in Manhattan. We'll just eat someplace near there. How's that? Uh... At Lexington Avenue? Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Oh, let's go on Park Avenue. Let's see some place pants. Yeah, just our style. Um. Hmm. What's the place with outlets? Why did you say we have lithium batteries? We've got nothing to worry about. No, in our, our packs, not in our... Oh. I mean, we have a lithium battery, but it, we'll need to charge. Um... decision is hard for me. Because um, right now I'm just reconfiguring all my priorities with the loss of this interview. What does that mean? I thought this interview was going to take up like an hour of our time. Yeah, so did I. Uh, but you know what? And now I think that hour is going to be replaced with you making me choose where to eat and me not being able to think of any place. Because I don't go to eat at restaurants. Yeah. Um, we go to um, Tavern on the Green. When do you get back from the not till the twenty sixth? Uh, uh, you're texting with Dave. Yeah. 
couldn't do late tonight before the screening, could he? No. Uh, um, let me think. Where is a restaurant? Did you do Wednesday? Um, I can either do it during my lunch break on Wednesday near Barnes & Noble uh, or uh, or I could do it right before the Guthrie show or something. Is that near where, where you were? Yeah. Um, I'm just trying to think of a restaurant now. be good to do a post Christmas anyways okay I'll be back um, alright so the interview might happen in January instead of in December instead of early December yeah maybe I'll come on my birthday when's your birthday January 19th alright um Okay, um, are you hungry? I am, yeah. What are you hungry for, JD? JD's taking out his phone. So we're not going to squeeze it in this week. We're not going to squeeze it in this week? No. Is it those times don't work for him? Yeah, I think he just has a lot going on. All right. Listen, if we want the best out of this article, yeah, we got to give we got to give Sims the the freedom to spread his wings. There's always a chance that Wired's going to jump on this and scoop him. That's on that's on Sims. If that Does happens, he know that? Does he know that's possible? <laughs> we don't want to do that. All right. I'll tell him. Just say Connor's really worried. Connor's really worried that Wired is going to scoop you. I put scoop in quotes. <laughs> um, this is how you play the game. This is how, how you play the game. <laughs> uh, um, we're now at 36th Avenue, Washington Avenue. Uh, we are on a Q train, which is an express train, but it stops at a lot of local stops, right? It's local in Astoria, right? The Q train? Yeah. Did Sims respond to that? He's asking me if Wired is after us. We have no way of knowing that. 
Uh, my suspicion is that Wired is probably hungry for this story, but doesn't know how to pursue it. Um, I... Yeah, so I've, I've made it clear, though, to the George Lucas talk show audiences that since that movie comes out in January, that January and February are really going to be all about strange magic. Like, January is going to be about pre-hyping oh. the release of that movie, and February is going to be all about breaking it down. Have you watched Toby Froud's movie trailer? No, I haven't. Uh-huh. You told me about it, I think. Sim says you're a master operator, clearly. That's great. I'm going to blurb that in the press packet for... Uh, we're being held at the station. We're being held at the station. Oh, wouldn't that be amazing uh, if the next, the rest of the podcast was just being held at the station? Yeah. So, um, okay, you know Brian Froud? Yeah. The, he's a illustrator, designer, who did Labyrinth, Dark Crystal, all that stuff. His son, Toby Froud who plays Toby in Labyrinth, the baby, mm-hmm. is now an adult and just made a feature film that he released a trailer to that is a Dark Crystal-esque puppet movie. Yeah. How does it look to you? Not sure? It doesn't look great. Oh. Well, it looks really well designed, but it just looks like the puppetry levels aren't up to the visionary of Henson, Lucas, all those people combining, you know? Yeah. Uh, now let's now that we've talked about Strange Magic for a little bit and that trailer I'm curious your thoughts on the actual trailer people are excited about the Star Wars trailer I have long since felt after the prequels that I'm done with Star Wars mm-hmm. I grew up loving it I read all the books I read outer universe stuff I read everything yeah and then the prequels just broke my heart yeah so I watched the trailer with a lot of skepticism and a lot of I'm not interested, I don't care. But the first shot, Stormtrooper jumps in the frame. Yeah. On like a clearly Tatooine yeah. desert. And I, I like had an active intake of breath, like <gasps> Yeah. What is this? And then as each step of the trailer unfolded, I found myself getting more and more excited. And then the moment that the like Star Wars fanfare blares yeah. as the Millennium Falcon does a loop, I had a moment of like, yes, yes, like a real like child moment of yeah. like, awesome, they're back. And then yeah. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm gonna have to see this at like midnight. Yeah. And that's sort of where I left off. Yeah. I mean... Like, this is going to be the first movie in a while that I'm going to see at midnight. Yeah. Like, I'm going to buy a ticket the moment it's available. Christmas Eve. Yeah. Uh, They're not going to do that. They would never do that. Well, I was was thinking it would be a hilariously bad decision if they did that because Christmas movies sell out anyway. Like... Right. Even movies that end up not doing well, like, it's become such a thing. Um... that uh, it would be a waste to put a movie that like that would be a yeah. nightmare to go see on Christmas yeah but it's going to be an exciting thing yeah I'm very excited for it yeah 
they got the Millennium Falcon scanner right. Mm-hmm. That it has to be a new one. The old one broke. Yeah. They have the prototype R two D two type thing. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. I'm not. I've never been a fan of the new lightsabers. Yeah. Like having new kinds, never interests me. But. But what? Is the new saber a little no. more interesting to you? Because you no. can fight at the side? No. <laughs> no, it's not interesting at all. It seems dangerous, right? To have extra lightsabers that can just cut you at wrist level? Yeah. And uh, did you see the Colbert thing? No. I thought you'd appreciate that. So those people that were complaining that basically, you know, the idea is that those are like the hilt of the sword. Yeah. To like protect you. Yeah. If like your lightsaber, you, you're like battling someone, yeah. and people said like it doesn't make sense because the part of the lightsaber that's impenetrable is the blade, but it's connected at the hilt by the electronics, and the blade yeah. is just out to the side. Yeah. So if you actually tried to stop a lightsaber with it, yeah, it would cut through the electronics. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, you don't. You didn't. You didn't process what I was saying. You're texting. I think I did. It's okay. It's okay if you didn't. But it's something I think you generally, you'd like contemplating. So I'm asking you not as a... That the, side, the side things would cut at things while you're fighting. No, so basically the idea is that they're the help of a sword. Yeah. It's all connected. Right, see? It's just yeah. closing doors. He got it. That's the, so basically there's only people online. They're uh, there's people online that were mad because the idea that it's the hilt yeah. wouldn't work because it, was, it would just be the base of lightsabers stopping the lightsaber blade, so they just get cut. Mm-hmm. But then Colbert went and did this whole thing, and people online have said, no, actually, it's one blade. The lightsaber blade is actually cross connected throughout the entire thing, and that's just there to protect your hand. So it actually would work as a hilt of a sword. Up the draw for you. Yeah, I kind of did it. Yeah. But our friend on the train did just get it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm having to arrange my schedule. I keep, I've booked out for this job for next week, but I keep then getting emails saying, audition appointment for tomorrow. I'm like, I'm booked out. I can't do this one. Uh, Wait, what are you, you can't do tomorrow? It's for a thing that films next week. Oh, right. So, but, I, but I booked out for this week anyway, so I shouldn't right. be getting auditions for when I told them I was going to be out of town. Right. Cover me talk-wise for a second. No, we'll just take in the sounds of the train. All right, sounds of the train, take <laughs> one. Oh, man. very uh, therapeutic about all the above ground trains like the fact that it's above ground means that you get to (sighs) 
see things. This is Queen Earl Plaza. Transfer is available to the seventh train. Yeah. Go to a Macy's. Yeah, I'm gonna go to the Rockefeller Center around there too. Okay. This is a Manhattan bound Q local train. The next stop is Lexington Avenue. Connor's got a race to finish his emails before we go underground. It's a battle of time. Is his Blackberry truly going to? be efficient enough for him to do this. That did it. Um, it's a weird... I wonder if I'm cut out to have agents, you know? <laughs> what does that mean? I mean, like, I feel like I'm not good with it. Like, what, what do you mean? Like, I feel like... I have commercial agents and I'll get things saying like uh, you have an audition for tomorrow an appointment for tomorrow at this time to go do this thing it's for a thing that shoots in these days and you're supposed to book out for them you're supposed to say like I'm not available these days right uh, and I will sometimes forget to do that and then I'll feel bad if they make an appointment or something and I'll be like oh shit I forgot this is not available for this because there's other thing. Right. But when I don't forget and I book out for dates, it doesn't matter anyway because I keep getting appointments. I sometimes get more appointments once I've said I'm not available. Right. And every now and then it'll be for something that's for so much money that I'll be like, oh, maybe that I'll do that instead of my conflict. Which is why I tend to not book out for some things because I'll think like, oh, if necessary, I could work around it. Right. But and that's just for commercials. Like I just wonder like. I feel like I'd be really annoying to have as a client uh, for re regular things. Uh, I get. I. So your problem is you feel like you're annoying your yeah. agent. Yeah, can't be annoying. I don't. Uh, that doesn't make sense to me, but. That probably doesn't make sense. That's just how I feel. I feel like I probably have a fundamental misunderstanding of the way things work. But they take your money. Yeah, I think I would just never make any money and then they get annoyed. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, but I think you quickly lose that the moment you make money and then see them take away 10% of it and then you go, oh, here's what you're going to do from now on. Well, I feel like it'll be 10% not very much. Uh, I guess it's because when I did have an agent when I was in London, the one main thing I did was turn down like a year and a half's worth of work so that I could do this play that was like a two-month run. Right. paid a lot less. So like the one decision I did was like to make them significantly less money. I was really proud of it as a creative and artistic decision, but 
partner was like, oh, they've like done this work to try to get me in things. And the first thing I did was turn down a very lucrative thing in favor of a thing that was significantly less lucrative. But that's why you have to work with agents to let them understand what your creative goal is. And then uh, they can help you work towards that. I guess so. Uh, So your parents listen to this podcast. Do both of them listen? No. Just your mom? Yeah. Does she tell your dad about it? I think so. Uh, in answer to what you are saying before about how your parents both get on the phone, I'm either on the phone with my mom or my dad. If I talk to my dad, he won't repeat, he won't share things with my mom about it. He'll forget to say things and then I'll think she knows it later and realize that he hasn't. Right. My mom will repeat everything I say to my dad. So if I talk to my mom, I know that both of them will hear it. If I talk to my dad, I can only guarantee that he will hear it. Um, but uh, my mom is much more of a phone person than my dad is. So it's, my dad has always typically been the type that the second you get on the phone with him, he's already positioning to try to have it be the last thing that's said in the phone conversation. Okay. That like... He's just not someone who, talk, who talks on the phone for a long time. Recently, I've had a couple of longer phone calls with him where he seems to have been interested in it. But for the past few decades, it has right. been very a very clear pattern of, like, the second sentence that he'll say will be like, well, okay. Like, he'll just, like, how things are well, like, yeah. Oh, well, I'm glad things are uh, going pretty good. Uh, yeah, I'll just have to see uh, what it's like. Like, he has the intonation yeah. of, like, this is the next to last thing I'm going to say. Right. Uh, my mom uh, I always feel comfortable talking with her on long subway rides she's a great person to talk to on the phone when you're on the subway because you won't have the risk of uh, annoying your fellow riders because you'll mostly she'll do so much of the talking that you'll basically I can I've had phone conversations with her where a full 20 or 30 minutes might go by where I'm just listening and uh, it's more like a pot listening to her podcast uh, not so much she just has a lot to say sure and then you know she'll want to she'll want to know things from me but then a lot of times we have a frequent a lot of my phone calls with my mom end with me saying okay I, I got I'm about to go in the tunnel and I'll just be like cut off by right she always laughs when we get to the point where it's like I, I'm one minute away from the tunnel and she'll be like I can't believe it like she, she's always it sounds like an excuse right it always is like I'm on the 7 train I'm one minute away from the tunnel funny and neither of your parents listen because you say they would but uh, yeah you've said you've explained that before yeah uh, they don't know even though they like they both have iPads right even I having an iPad I'm, like I don't listen to podcasts on it Interesting. Uh, I, I download podcasts from my iPod Classic, which is no longer made. Should we get out here? No. Where do you want to go? Uh, there's just not many places to eat around here. Oh, we'll travel to some place. Right, but let's. We're on the train. I say let's either go to Herald Square area or Union Square and Bayou area. Herald Square. Okay. Okay. What are you thinking? I don't know. I'm trying to think of what's around there. Like you think like you're in the Bryant Park area? No, around like Herald Square. There's a couple of things. All right. 
There is like hot bellies, things like that. Yeah. What's the what? There's like pot bellies, but you can do that, right? You can do that? Yeah. Audio cameo in an audio only format. That's funny. Yeah. Um, I, you know, when I saw the. I mean, I, I may have said this before. Apologies to listeners and viewers. Um, but. I knew. Uh, my friend Jeff Falzone and I, we. Uh, when the special editions of Star Wars came out in the mid 90s. We, that's when we started really having fun with the idea of George Lucas as a character. Because the decisions that were made in special editions, there were 50%, maybe more, were solid technical cleanup things. Like, oh, just erase some matte lines. Things that were just like little annoyances that may have been charming, but didn't serve, they weren't intentional. And then there were the things that were added that were modern choices, modern indulgences by George Lucas. And those creative choices were the ones that led us to believe, like, oh, uh, these are what the new movies will be like. These right. choices are what the new movies will be like. So we were bra- we were braced for when the prequels came out. We knew what they were going to be. Right. So as a result, I think my heart was never broken by the prequels because I saw them coming from a long distance away. And... Uh, but even with that, I can remember being... I was visiting a friend in Santa Monica when the week that Phantom Menace came out. And I can remember the first, like, 15 seconds or 20 seconds of the experience when you saw the logos and then the long time ago in the galaxy far, far away and then the fanfare with the title and everything. I remember having a similar, like, intake of breath. Right. I was like, oh, like, I haven't felt this... Uh, I mean, now it's funny to think of because the length of time between Return of the Jedi and Phantom Menace felt like a long, long time. Right. You guys know, can I get can I get the editor Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can get the editor at pretty much any one of these. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, of course. But I think any any stop will get NQR. Yeah. Without going on, I mean, just staying in the station. Yeah. Yeah, if you're still going downtown, yeah. 
would just take this to 14th Street because it's yeah. going to go express for a couple stops so we'll get you to 14th Street and then switch to One stop. You sure you don't want to have a seat also? Yeah. yeah. Oh. Thank you. Of course. Uh, the... Maybe it looks like a basketball guy. Favorite station in New York. What's that? Yeah, well, because what'll happen is at late at night the Q trains will stop here, yeah. so it becomes like a dead, a no man's land. Yeah, you get stuck here. Yeah. Um, there are two seats over here. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Oh no, of course. Um, the. Uh, We should have let her sit down. I know, I feel bad, but it got to a point where she was like refusing it. And it was awkward. Um, feel guilty now? No. There is a weird thing yeah. where. And I realize I haven't been around in a while. It's like growing up. Because my sister has a disability, yeah. spent a lot of time around people with disabilities. Yeah. So a lot of my childhood was spent not just around my sister, but also tons of people. And my school system had a lot of people with mm-hmm. disabilities. Yeah. So I actually find myself very comfortable and interested in the ways that different people, different, different disabilities interact. Yeah. It's like as you're talking the entire time, like I couldn't pay attention because I was just trying to, like every person with disabilities sort of has parameters under which they are comfortable and able to communicate. Yeah. You sort of have to learn those parameters and figure out how to communicate. And so it's like interesting to me hearing them interact yeah. and trying to figure out <coughs> what his communication sort of parameters were and like his comfort levels and things like that. Yeah. So it felt like he was very, like inwardly thoughtful because she seemed able to like communicate very complicated subjects to him but he wasn't good at communicating but he also clearly had complex thoughts and things like that so it's interesting to see sort of where that line was but then I realized that New York City 
you don't see that many people with disabilities, or you do, but you, you don't see them interacting often because most people are just sort of quiet. And I think if you grew up with disability in New York, you'd sort of learn to like just sort of stay quiet and do your thing. Yeah. Whereas I think in like suburbs or small communities, it's a lot more normal for people with disabilities to be a lot more social. Yeah. Because they're brought up around people who are more understanding of that and like the things that they're doing and so it's like they're they've learned like oh well i can communicate and interact and be social and other people will adapt to that whereas I, i'm sure in new york it's the opposite where when you grow up with a disability you grew up learning like oh the best way to interact is to sort of like keep to myself stay quiet and trust have the people who are around me that help me with stuff sort of get me through these things because there's probably a lot of people in New York who aren't as uh, receptive or interested in spending time dealing with people with disabilities. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, almost like how like in like small towns like, like homeless people will be, be like personalities as opposed uh. to like things that in New York people ignore, you know? Yeah. So I just found that interesting because he was very social, communicative for someone with a disability in New York. In a way that felt very familiar to me, but didn't feel like it matched with New York as much. Because you'll see a lot of people's disabilities, but they're very quiet and very... Because it's sort of matching most, most people are like that on the train. Right. Like the people who stand out are the people who are actually having a conversation. Right. Almost everyone's just being quiet. Right, which is why it's strange when we do this podcast. Because we're constantly talking in a way that's not normal for people on the subway and whatnot. Yeah. But anyways, that's why I was not listening to like any of the past 20 minutes what you're saying. So I was just yeah. sort of like listening to their conversations yeah. and how they're interacting. <laughs> and it's very impressive. She's clearly... Uh, helped take care of him for a long time. Yeah. There's an interesting thing that's happening now where for the first time ever um, we're having to learn how to care for people with disabilities in old age. Mm-hmm. That's never happened before. Right. But our medicine and our healthcare has gotten so much better that people with disabilities are living longer than they ever have before. Yeah. So now we're having to face things of like how do you take care of people that are in their like 50s and 60s with like adult Down syndrome or like with problems that usually would have shortened someone's life significantly otherwise. Yeah. So it's interesting. And it's a very difficult thing too. Especially I imagine it's going to be very hard for how old would you say he is? Late 30s? Late 30s, early 40s, yeah. yeah. And how old do you guess she was? Uh, 60s? Late 60s, early 70s, yeah. yeah. Um, being the, and being, so it's being like someone's caretaker when you're when you know that you Right. Are at an age where you might need to be taken care of soon or something. You know, like. Exactly. The, and she seemed very. 
option, very capable. Very capable, easy. yeah. But you, like, how do you plan ahead for something like that? How do you plan ahead for... Well, also keep in mind, the past 30, 40 years of her Hey, 12 Heads, this is JD jumping in here. Um, so basically, in this episode, something that went really wrong is that we actually lost a ton of the episode. We lost about two hours. And it was honestly like the most fun two hours. Um, Connor and I went to Macy's. We looked at the windows. We went shop- We went shopping. We tried to find Santa. I mean, there's like a lot of really good stuff in there. We went to Rockefeller Center. We tried to get on uh, Late Night with Seth Meyers. Um, all sorts of stuff. It was fun. And then I think basically the recorder sort of froze itself into destruction. And when that happened, it meant that we lost everything that was on the the file that hadn't been, you know, uh, recorded yet. And that's like about we record everything. Everything sort of turns into three-hour-long files that there's no edits, but they separate the file into three-hour pieces. So we lost like two hours. Um, but because Connor and I were going home for the holidays, we decided to do private time a little special, and we were both going to sit down with our some members of our family and just talk since that's sort of a, I don't know, since our family comes up a lot, it would be, in the podcast, it would be interesting to hear from them, I think. Um, so, um, in lieu of our adventure, um, we're going to give you some private time and, uh, up first is Connor with some private time. So JD may have already, uh, informed you guys that we lost a big chunk of audio in this episode, which is devastating because it was a really good, it was a really good section. I don't want to, I mean, I can, I was going to say I don't want to overhype it, but there's really no danger in that because... No one will ever hear it. The audio is gone. But uh, we went on an adventure to Macy's. And uh, a lot of unexpected things happened. And it's the kind of thing we can't really replicate. So it's lost forever. It's just gone. But, so, the 12-hour length has been compromised. We've lost hours of our uh, of our day, which was actually a much longer day than 12 hours total. Uh... But we're we're gonna make it up. JD's gonna record a little bit, and I'm gonna record a little bit. And uh, at the moment, I'm in Jefferson City, Missouri, uh, and it's uh, December 22nd. It's a Monday, just a few days before Christmas, 2014. So I'm gonna record a couple of uh, uh, individual segments today, uh, and email them to JD and he's going to insert them into the podcast. I don't know how he did well, I don't know what the, I don't know how we make this. I don't understand the technical uh, qualities of how we do this podcast. I just say things and I'm right now I'm recording it on some app on my iPad. So I apologize uh, for the audio quality. I know right now that I can hear that there's a, uh, it probably is very low quality at the moment because we have a, in our home we, um, grew up in for I mean most I mean for what year do Brian I'm here with my sister Brian uh, what year do we move into this house um what grade would you have been in? I think I was about to go into 7th grade 87 okay so for like from 1987 on uh, we lived in one house which was uh, sort of on the outskirts outskirts of Jefferson City uh, until around 85 ish and then I remember there was a transition year where we were in a duplex 
was renting in a duplex and then we, while this house was being built. And then we've lived here ever since. But the noise you can hear is that we have a, a fireplace that's connected to the central heating. So when the, when the heat kicks in on the fire, then that's the noise you hear. That, that background noise is uh, great for heating the house. It's bad for recording this. Uh, Brianne, you're sitting at the, we're at the uh, dining room table. And you're working. You're doing some work. Yes. Uh, on your, you have a, is it an, an, uh, an Air? Yeah. iMac Air? Is that what they're called? I think so. Yeah. It was given to me. So this is for work. This is a work computer. This is my work computer, which I dropped the first week they gave it to me. But it still works, so it's okay. That's good. Just a little bang. Oh, so some, there's some cosmetic damage to it, but it didn't hurt the, it didn't hurt the as far as I know. functionality, as far as you can tell. Yeah. Uh, how are you doing, Brian? I'm well. Yeah. I'm very well. Yeah. Uh, can you hear me on that? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I can hear you. I'm monitoring it through an earbud here, so oh, okay. I know. Yeah. Um, so what's going on? Um, I'm just monitoring what's going on at work and trying. I've gotten most of my work done this morning and you, now just advising and. Can uh, you describe what it is that you do? What's the t- what's your job title? Um, director of new business development and sales. Uh, um, <laughs> I don't even know. So that's one. Of, but what do you? Wh- if you had to name what you do, what would you say? It, if you had to give it in, because that sounds like one of those names that is made up. Not made up, but it's like a statusy kind of name. Like you, like when you say like, yeah, I'm you know like associate producer on this or something like it's one of those where like I don't know what it means but it sounds like oh that's a real job like you have a real job title right um well basically I'm in sales Mm -hmm. um and I work in the production and visual merchandising aspect of sales so window props interior displays kind of anything you could see in a store that like it, signage and things like yeah, that? Yeah, that's not the clothing. Everything that's not the clothing. So when you went into Macy's, which no one gets to hear about. Right, but there's tons of things that so would be... There's so much stuff. That if, yeah. if you don't you don't handle Macy's, but if you were part of... If, right. if you work for the... the uh, stores hire outside... Is it vendors? Yes. Yeah, outside vendors to help them... The Produce people it. to help yeah. them make the displays and things that are in their stores. So right. like... We were we were observing in Macy's like a bunch of holiday things. Some of which would I don't know whether it would fall under. There were these things that were hanging from the ceiling that were like these big art pieces. Yeah, we we actually do work for Macy's. Oh, you do. So a lot okay. of <clears throat> a lot of the stuff you'll see in there we've made, and we have a factory in Long Island that has um, it's 149,000 square feet, and we have 200 workers. Did you personally do anything for Macy's? No, I okay. didn't personally do anything. Um. I have other other, other clients. clients. We won't mention specific clients or anything like that. But just so yeah. like any time anyone goes into a chain store or, or any kind of or any kind of store uh, that has big displays, they might have hired an outside group to help them. Uh, they ninety nine percent yeah um, have have outsourced that, and it's uh, it's interesting because a lot of a lot of work is going to China now. Yeah, um, and overseas if they have the time to produce it. Right. But um, we're one of the larger places, lo- like stateside, that's able to produce and get things out to stores quickly. 
Yeah, so a lot, if they need something quick, they might not have time to do it right. cheaper further away, but if they can plan yeah. or something. because you need about a month on a boat to get whatever prop is done, and then about 10 weeks prior to that for the order. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it is. I guess it's kind of like one of those things, like when you go into, like, uh, Walgreens or something, and they have a Walgreens brand of battery that... Walgreens doesn't have its own dedicated factory producing batteries. Oh, right. There's so there's like a lot of, so there's like, it is amazing to think about how many stores like have to hire outside people to do things that look like they're just done for that company. Right. Yeah. There's, it's kind of amazing how many different factories are used for different pieces because even within a smaller store, um, you would have probably 10 to 15 vendors that are making things for that store. Yeah. Like, uh, so anytime, anytime you see something like, like, would it even come down to like little signs that are like on shelves that say, oh, like shelf talkers and things that say like, yeah. this is 20% off or something like that. And it has the little Walgreens logo. I do a lot of those. Things yeah. like that. And do people just say like, this is what we need? Um, it depends on the company. Like, you'll get either the artwork and very specifically the materials and what they're what's needed for it. Yeah. Or um, they might send you their information and you lay it out for them. Is we it, have artists. And is it ever fun? It's always fun. It's always fun? Yeah. But isn't that annoying when they're just telling you what to do all the time? Uh, is that I ever mean, annoying? I mean, it's like, <laughs> if you're like, no, we need it like this. Or well, I came that. from the other side, so I think it's more annoying on the other side because you have about 18 people that right, so you think used, they're creative. You used to work for a company that would have to hire outside vendors. Yes. And then you would deal with those vendors, and now you're now you're the people who make the things yeah. as opposed to people who ask to saying we need these things. Right, because once I'm asked for something, usually it's pretty set yeah. in, in the design process. And you just have to do on, it right. On the other side, you had to deal with 18 people that thought they were creative and weren't necessarily. Right. So it's much more straightforward. Someone just says, we need this, and then you do it accurately, as opposed to on the other side where you're like, we've all agreed finally on what we need. Right. And then you have to hope that the vendor does it accurately. Right. Whereas now you know you're on the end that can be like, I know I did what you asked. Right. And it's... Well, it's interesting. It's whenever you're in the creative field, and I'm sure most people listening are, that there's no set right answer. Right. So... You know, you might think a circle is a circle, and then another person doesn't think it's quite the circle that he was envisioning, and, you know, that was the other side. Yeah. Now I know that it's like, okay, this is exactly what you want, here's the specs, and I'll produce it. Well, and I would say there's probably nothing more frustrating than doing creative things with people who aren't very creative, but think they're very creative. Yes. Or think they understand, like, what's interesting, and they're like, nah, I don't know, or, or oh, I got an idea. And yeah. it's horrible, and you just have to work with them. Well, and they don't—they don't necessarily understand of how it's how to produce it as well. So right, it's like, oh, I want this suspended from the ceiling, and but I don't want any cords showing. It's like, well, how's it going to hang? Right, they want magic. Yeah. So what are you able to do from home here? Because you're working—you're not. Sometimes you work at a place, and a lot, of, and several days a week you just work from home. What are you doing when you work from home? Right now, it looks. Um, right now, I'm looking at your computer. It's just like spreadsheets, yeah. with numbers on them, where <laughs> it's just sizes. like sizes and locations and yeah. p- unit costs and quantities. I'm seeing a lot of that. Yes. So this I, looks like accounting to me. 
<laughs> I am definitely not an accountant. Yeah, um, but it looks to me, it looks like, oh, I don't know how to do that. So I'm I'm working on a few different projects for spring right now. Yeah. Um, and my clients are sending me um, their distros and allocations. Distros, what's that? Um, their distribution. So basically, it's each prop oh, has the, amount of. We want three in this city. city. We want three in this city, yeah. etc. And then how much they are and breaking it out for sizing and then what I do is um, we do renderings for each one which we break it down exactly. little diagrams little right diagrams. now what I'm looking at looks like what you get with a, a if you bought something at Ikea you'd have like a little drawing of how to assemble it that's what yes. I'm looking at so this is like a box that someone wants for a display like a, yeah. a, a um, this would almost be like a something that you would set other like product on or a yeah. mannequin is that right? yes and, but you've also got like uh, here's a side view. Here's this side view. Here's a view from the top. You're and looking at all the dimensions. View. So this is an exploded um, view. That's exciting. Oh, yeah. Oh, so that's where it's it's literally showing like here's what happens if you sort of take it apart. Yes. So this is um, a proof, and when I send this to my client yeah. and make sure that we're on the same page. Yeah. And they say yes. It has the quantities, the colors, everything exactly. The material. Finish. Is this the fun part, or is this the part that's uh, what's the le- least fun part and most fun part? Um, I think the least fun part would probably be pricing. Um, just just num- making numbers. sure numbers and making yeah. sure the prices are accurate. And you have to figure out exactly how much time it's going to take. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have people that do this. This isn't me. Right. But um, there's, they figure out exactly how many minutes it'll take on the router and then with the production and painting and how how expensive that is, material costs, all those things. So this is probably like, I would say, so this is uh, uh, visual merchandising is the name of the, right? Yeah, I mean, basically. Yes. Basically? Yeah. I mean, we do, we do things for banks as well. and Right. Like if a bank has a big sign saying yeah, free so checking. If you... Um, I won't mention the bank name, but right. it's probably on every corner of New York. And I know what bank this, that is. You see those things. I know what, exactly what bank. I mean, anyone who's been to New York <laughs> in the past five years knows what bank that could be. And yeah. it could be another bank, so you could be wrong. But you're not. You're right. You know what bank it is. Um, so all of those signs. That right. Are they need a, presumably they need a lot of signs because even if if you. I bet this is one of those things that people don't actively notice because it's yeah. not. It's designed to be noticed, but it's not designed. You don't want people thinking when they walk into the store, like, "Oh boy, I wonder where all the different these things got made." You right. just want them to focus on what it says. Right. But it's probably one of those things. If you were to go into a major bank that has a lot of locations, yeah. the number of things that you that keep it from being just a plain white room. Yes. Probably a lot more than I would guess. You'd be amazed at how many signs have people's names on them and are customized. Like or just how many signs things. there are in general when you go into right. a place. You know, it says like free, like free checking, all those bullet points. How do people? In, do you know that song? Sign, sign everywhere, sign. Yes. Do people in your where you work? Do they like that song or do they? No, hate that but song? I feel like we should definitely play that when I get back. Do you think that would... I mean, that's one of those things. Is that a thing where, to me, that's a fairly dumb joke I just made, but you could... I imagine... I, I you feel could like become, my boss would giggle quite a bit You could become joke. fairly popular employing that joke in yes. that kind of workplace setting. Right? Yeah, I think so. Even though that's an anti-sign song, a song about <laughs> someone who 
says, I don't want any more signs. I'm not going to obey these signs. But I bet you could edit it. There's a documentary out about signs. Yeah. And it's about the people that used to hand paint the signs. Right. And how it was a dying art. It's a lost art. It's a lost art. Yeah. Because now everyone uses vinyl and... You know, flatbed printers and those things. Right, and it's all. It, what what programs do you use to design stuff? I use a lot of InDesign. We have CAD rendering. Yeah. Um, but everyone's doing the same. Everyone, yeah. But it's all the industry standard, right? It's those are like the big dogs in terms of. Yeah, and they use three D rendering. A lot of three D. You do, have a three D printer at work. We do have a three D printer at work. Have you ever made a gun? No. All right. Um, that's the first thing I think of when I think of that. I, I always hear news stories about um, 3D printers that someone like tries to make a... People are trying to make guns using those. And they but say it's that's a, the, you can't build a file. I don't think you can actually... I think there's rules against like files printing. What do you mean? With, with guns. Like there's certain files that you can't download. Like you can't download like a, like a artwork for the gun. Like you'd have to, I guess, build that in house. Yeah, you make your own. You have to make your own. Yeah. Um, I think, the, fortunately up to now, the couple of people who've built a, uh, used a 3D printer to try to make a gun, their guns have not worked very well at all. I got my head scanned, the mm-hmm. 3D scanned. Yeah? In is that kind of like, is that like photocopying your butt on the, is that one of those <laughs> things that people do? Like, I'll get my head scanned. No, no, I did it um, for David for his birthday. Okay. And now, so, was that authorized at work so you get a 3D scan at work? No, we don't have scanners. Oh, you didn't have a scanner. We, there's a place in Soho that. Separate thing. Separate not done place. at work. Not, not done. using Sorry, work resources. You made it sound like, yeah, I went and stuck my head in the 3D render no. at work. <laughs> no, it's a, it's like a booth. Like yeah. a photo booth that you sit in, and it has a camera that goes around your head 360, and it scans you. Uh-huh. And then they send you a file, and you can have it printed three-dimensionally, so you have this little three-inch he- like bust of yourself. And you can get it larger. How large can you make it? <clears throat> I don't know. I would have to look that up for you. All right. I'm going to guess you can make one that's tremendously large. I mean, I think that within their size 3D printer, it's probably only... 12 inches. Oh, okay. So they're limited by their... They're how limited much by their printers. 3D, we, 3D toner they have? I don't... How does it work? What are they printed on? Plastic? You, it's plastic. Yeah. It's like an ink or plastic that is... Liquefied. Liquefied, and, then, and it goes back and forth. So it's kind of like plastic toner. They also... I've heard... Um, I've seen a video on it. They do 3D printing of buildings, which they have these huge um, print, like printer-type machines yeah. that lay concrete so that they can build the walls inside a factory and then have a house that's like almost pre-constructed that yeah. goes out. I mean, it's and the they're, they're trying to 3D print organs. And Ugh, I wouldn't want to be the first person to use one of those. Right. You know what I mean? Like, somebody... I, have you seen that show, The Nick? No. It's on Cinemax, so I had to get Cinemax to get it. It's really good. Uh, well, I don't have a television. Oh, right. <laughs> um... The, but you watch TV shows, just so we're clear. You're like a cord cutter. Um, You're not one of those people who's like, I don't watch television. Oh, no, I'm not pretentious. I yeah, that. it's because David, your boyfriend, has, uh, if you had a television, he would do nothing else. He'd be so, so it's like a disciplined thing on his part 
to not have a television because if you had a television, he would watch it all the time. Right. The, we would not sleep. So you guys watch stuff on Hulu and things like that, right? Or HBO yeah. Go or something? I think we only... You get, like, Netflix thing. You're, right. What do you have? What, how, what, are your, what are your streams for TV? Um, iTunes. iTunes? You buy shows. You'll buy, like, a season pass. Yes. Because we're watching Newsroom. Okay. The Newsroom. The Newsroom. Yeah. I keep calling it News Night, and it's not. Newsroom. The Newsroom. News Night is the show within the show, right? Oh, okay. Right? I have no idea. News Night with uh, um, Will McAvoy? That's what I'm watching. Yeah. No, The Newsroom is the name of the show. Oh, okay. But the show within the show is News Night with Will McAvoy. <laughs> okay. Uh, unless I've misremembered it. I'm very bad at titles. Um, Do you ever watch Sports Night? No, but it's on our list now. Uh, um, it's really great. But, yes, we're watching that, and we watch that Ignore, through. the first season has a laugh track, and it's the laugh track's bad and it's not actually a, it's partly a laugh track because even though it looks just like the newsroom or West Wing it looks like it shouldn't have a studio audience I found out recently they do have a studio audience but the studio but it, because it was filmed like a single camera TV show the audience couldn't see most of what we, they were just like watching it on monitors oh. and because they were filming it not like a Friends or Seinfeld type show with a or Everybody Loves Raymond where you have an audience watching the thing like a play um, it took a lot longer to film, so the audience would be there for like eight hours or more. Oh, jeez. And so the la- the energy level of the laughter was so inconsistent. Oh, now the f- heating's gone off, so it probably sounds so a lot better. Um, the energy level uh, um, was so inconsistent over the course of six hours because people are excited and ready to laugh in the first hour more than they are in the fifth hour or whatever. Right. So they had to like super fix it with canned laughter with they, in order to balance the level of laughter because otherwise it would sound like some scenes they love and some scenes they are exhausted and don't like. Yeah. Um, but but it's a good show and they get rid of the laugh track after a while. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so you you, well, you watch things on iTunes. What else? Um, I guess CBS because we are um, diehard Survivor fans. So do you have the CBS app or whatever? There's that they have that new thing. It might be useful to you. It's like six dollars a month. I don't know. It's David does it on his computer, and okay. I. Um, so you're able to watch the CBS shows like I, as they air. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So we watch that. Bet you have that because that's their new way of like you can watch it right away. Yeah, I don't really know how he does it. He just he's very much more uh, diehard than I am. So on I have, Survivor, he gets it queued up, and then I have to go and press the button so that he doesn't see anything like who's. The picture, or oh, but they don't spoil it on this. Uh, a little bit on the finale. Oh, they do. Yeah. Oh, because oh, because it's narrowed down, right? Uh, so what else? What uh, so CBS thing? The killing, which was. Did you buy that as an iTunes? No, we watched that on Netflix. On Netflix, okay. So those do you have are Amazon Prime. I do, and I've never used. You can watch their stuff streaming. like like the Americans. Is I think the only streaming service that has the Americans right now is Amazon what's Prime. The Americans? the Americans is an FX show, and it's um, oh, what's her name who played Felicity? Um, 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 right, I know who. Uh, blanking on her name. Um, Shall I look it up on my? Yeah, computer? look it up. Um, it, but the, they it's set in the eighties. It's sort of like Mad Men. Mad Men meets Homeland. Yeah. Uh, and it's. Because it's got 1980s period stuff that kind of has the same feeling of the way Mad Men handles period. Um, Felicity. You'd think you would see her name on one of the things. uh, Carrie Russell. Carrie Russell. Um, I like her. 
she uh, it's about a couple who are KGB spies living in America, but they've they've been married since they were like teenagers. Oh. And it's an arranged marriage by the KGB to um they they just seem like an average uh suburban American family. They run a travel agency together, but they're actually like assassins and spies. Well, that's, um, that might be fun. It's it's I'm partway through the first season and I think you really like it. It's really uh exciting and fun and smart. They're trying to find another show after it's a good the one. Killing, they only have season they only have season 1 on Amazon Prime, but I'm sure soon they'll yeah. have season 2. Cuz we only watch we'll watch one episode a night. Yeah. But not every night. So you don't binge watch. No. We don't really have time for it. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so, uh, how did we get on this about how you don't have a TV? I think we're talking about. Um, um, we're. <laughs> I don't. I'm not sure. We're. We're discussing work, and then we're discussing. I have no idea. Yeah. I said something and you're like, I don't own a TV. Um, you you say it like I said it with no, no. a, a sight. You were just correcting me. You're, to myself. Like, <laughs> you were just correcting me. With a little shoulder swag yeah. and a little head bob. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't like that. I just want to <laughs> clarify. Yeah. Um, What's the likelihood that people are going to be listening to this? Pretty good. Oh, goodness. Um... I mean, not everybody's going to listen to it, but a few people will. Okay. I mean, it's hard to gauge because some of the episodes have had, I think, thousands of downloads. But downloads don't equal... like if you 12 look at, hours of listening. Yeah, if you look at uh, the stats on any YouTube video, most YouTube videos, people stop watching in the first five seconds. <laughs> like, if you see a, any YouTube video I've ever had, if you look at the stats on it, if it says... 200 people watched it. What that means is, like, 180 people watched the first four seconds, and then we're like, forget this. And then you see people, another 20 people maybe made it this far, and then no one made it to the end. I can or one person watch made it to the end. YouTube. Yeah. It could be, like, an hour later, and I'll realize, oh, my God, what have I been doing? Um, Just one thing to the next thing to the next thing. Stream of consciousness. That's called falling down a YouTube hole. Is it? Yeah, There's a name for it? Yeah, I think that's the phrase that has uh, become dominant. People talking about, like, yeah, I fell down a YouTube hole. Because you do, you'll watch something, you'll think it's the only thing you're going to watch, and then you'll see at the side, like, oh, five more things that are, like, kind of like this. Yeah. Um, what's the What's your favorite YouTube video you've ever seen? Or what kind of video on YouTube? Do you like, like, funny animal things, funny baby mm. things, people getting hurt? Oh, uh, that's horrible. <laughs> Well, these are the things that are popular, like uh, people getting hurt, panda is sneezing, oh. people falling in a way that's no. Hilarious. I, I tend to watch um, some music videos because I wouldn't normally see those. Right, no one would if they and, didn't watch on on online. Right, and then I just fall into a hole of music videos. Old music videos or newer ones? I can. It it varies. What's a great I, music video from the last I two love years? Chandelier with. See it with, with the, that with the, the little girl dancing. Yeah, it's just quite good. Um, yeah, uh, there's so many good ones. Oh, what's Sia's, I love Uptown what's Sia's Funk. story? What Uptown Funk? Uptown is like Funk. My 
favorite thing. What is that? I don't even know what that is. It's, um, I, I want to show you, but it's not appropriate for right now. Well, um, what's Sia's deal? Because here's what I know about Sia. Uh, Sia did that song. It's Bruno Mars. Oh, Bruno Mars. He's good. Yeah, and it's, the dancing's great. But this is a Mark Ronson. Video. Who's a, Mark Ronson's like a dance producer, right? Yeah, a dance music producer. I'm not sure. Or maybe not dance music, but he's like a record producer. It's just I have a Bob Dylan song that is remixed by Mark Ronson. That's how I know that name. Oh, really? He did a remix of uh, this. It just it makes you want to dance. It okay, just makes makes you want to dance. It makes you want to play. Wanna... Uh, let's play a second of that. Let's see. You can't. <laughs> oh, you can't do that. It's not touch screen. I'm glad it's Should not I touch screen. I don't Charlie like touch Brown? screen. Uh, no, let's. Uh, we'll just mash it up. Vince Guaraldi's Charlie Brown music is playing in the distance. You might hear it because it's the holidays and I have that on. But I think Uptown Funk featuring Bruno Mars is going to dominate for a second here, sound-wise. Um, if it comes on. We'll see. Right now it's doing that thing. Uh, okay. Lady walking. We see her legs. People are slapping hands. Oh. What's this? Is it's, this an ad? No, it, no, this is the actual song. It's oh. just it's taking a while to... S- I was taking all the loads. So let's just pause it. Let's just pause it, it and it'll it'll. It has a very a feel of like Michael Jackson to it. Yeah, like a little smooth criminal aspect to yeah. it. I'm seeing there. Yeah. Um. Sia, here's the thing. Sia, uh, did you ever watch Six Feet Under? I used to. Did you see the ending of Six Feet Under? No. No. Did you hear about it? I didn't see the last two seasons. No, and I didn't hear about it either. The ending is probably the best ending to any TV show ever. I don't think there's a better ending to any TV show. I think we... I recently, I think just last week, was talking to a friend about how good Six Feet Under was and that we needed to... I needed to go back and watch it again. I like Six Feet Under. I wouldn't wouldn't rank it among any of my favorite shows because it... I really liked the early... Uh, I liked when they had a lot more about the undertaking industry in the first couple season where they kind of had the corporate undertaker yeah. that they were competing against. And once they eliminated that, uh, they eliminated that sort of bad, big bad for that show. It was still good, but there were a lot of aspects of it in later seasons that I was less thrilled with. Yeah. Um, but it, it's not anything. It's not a fault of the show. It just didn't. It wasn't. A, I wouldn't put it in my like my top twenty shows or anything. But the ending to the show, the very ending of the last episode, like the last five minutes, uh, I won't say what it is, but it, it uses this. It uses a Sia song. I didn't know who Sia was, but I was like, this song's great. And part of it may just be that it was used so well that I, I, I may have. I'm sure that added a few points in my estimation to the song. Yeah. But then I didn't hear anything about Sia for a long time. And then all of a sudden that Chandelier song, I was hearing it. And I'm like, that's Sia. I'm like, I was at the same Sia that years ago did the Six Feet Under finale. Because yeah. that's a long time. Like, already people are saying, like, Lady Gaga's over. You know, and I'm like, wait, really? How many bad albums did she make? Oh, no, this, we're not crazy about this last album. I'm like, wow, that's quick. Like, is everyone just throwing everybody away a year after they liked them? Yeah. Um... So that's a long span for Sia to... Now Sia had yeah. Chandelier, and now she has that song in the new Annie movie. Have you seen that? Have you seen that new no. song? They, they keep showing... The, Doesn't she have... I, I don't think, know anything about Sia. I think she also has a song, and I might be wrong. I shouldn't say this on air um, if I'm not sure, but... Well, just, I, that's I think, the caveat. It's okay. <laughs> I think that she had something that had to do with the new Hunger Games movie as well, and a, a song was Maybe. she... Was she part of the Hanging Tree song with Jennifer Lawrence, or was it... She might have been, but I don't know. 
Uh, let's see if Mark Ronson's ready to... Let's play a little bit of that. Hold on. So lady walking, people slapping each other's hands. Uh, they're dancing. They're harassing that woman on the street. Five guys dancing, Bruno Mars is at the apex of the little triangle. Yeah, this is fun. He's such a good dancer. Yeah, he was good when he hosted SNL. Did you see when he hosted yeah. SNL? I really like that mouse, that sad mouse video in that one. <laughs> I'm not sure about that. But he did this on SNL recently. We did? Yeah. But this video is all street harassment. It's all just them harassing women. Yeah. But it's like, this video is like the fun side of street harassment, yes? Right. Because they're all good dancers, and they don't... They're just saying, like, why don't you smile? <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. Well... Well, I mean, I'd feel less harassed if someone was dancing like that. You'd be like, oh, okay. It's more like you walked, in this context, it's more like you walk past their dance performance and they acknowledge you because they're walking pretty close to the performance space. Right. Um, So that's fine. So let's look up the, um, let's look up the... Sia? Let's find out what Sia's deal is. No, it's uh, with an S. Yeah. Um, That's how much I don't know. Yeah. I don't, like, I don't know... I mean, chandelier is pretty much the biggest thing that comes... Let's look her up on Wikipedia. Let's look up Sia on Wikipedia and see what, what her deal is. Um, Sia, musician. Where is she? I don't even know where she's from. She's Australian. Okay. I thought she would have been Norwegian or something. And, yeah, she had a 2000... She had a single in 2000. Um, yeah, so she's been around Can for a while. Um, Since 75? No, she was born no. in 75, so she's my age. I'm the same age as Sia. Uh, she had something that was going to be on a Spider-Man 2 soundtrack, but didn't happen, I think, maybe? Let's see. Let's see if we see any Hunger Games info. I'm going to keep going down. Yeah, keep going down. We're only to 2009. Um, t- okay, so... Yeah, I don't see anything about it. I'm going to Google it. Oh, she co-wrote Pretty Hurts, the Beyonce song. Mm. It's a good song. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like Sia. Yeah, she has something on there. Oh, she does? Elastic Heart. Okay, so... From she Catching could, Fire, from the she, last one. Yeah, she okay. had something on there, just it, it wasn't the hanging tree. Yeah. Um, I was almost right. Have you heard the um, Madonna songs that just dropped? I'm not a fan. You don't like Madonna? No. Why not? I just... I'm... Oh... Okay. Um, you don't like her attitude? No, I just don't want to see her in a leotard anymore. Okay, I but what, about her, what about her music? Let's talk about what she actually does. Um, I bet you like a, do- a dozen Madonna songs. I like old school Madonna songs. See? Let's, I haven't really listened to her. And look up. Let's look up Madonna's new songs, because I think these songs sound pretty good. Okay. I, I... Yeah. Um... Where I they'll probably go to Madonna.com. No, no, they'll probably... They're just, we're just going to hear, like, 30-second samples of things. Um, you think I'll be able to decide in 30 seconds? No, I think uh, these little samples sound pretty good. 
Let's go to news. Let's go to news. Let's see. Uh, yeah, click that. Madonna releases six songs from her new Rebel Heart album. Let's click the iTunes thing, and that's where they'll. That's where we we'll get our little previews. Uh, do nothing. Uh, now let's click when those when these little th- uh, play icons show up. Uh, maybe we have to view in iTunes. Oh, oh, click back, click back. Um, click view in iTunes. Launch it. We Launch the application. I know, I know. I felt better to click do nothing. <laughs> it's so rare that you get a uh, thing that comes out that just tells you to do nothing. Like that sounds easy. Um, um, I don't think I don't know if I do have iTunes on here. Yeah. Here you go. Yeah. Okay. So, click the little play there. Click the next one. This sounds like a, a Lonely Island song. It sounds like uh, uh, Andy Samberg. Like when he's... Uh, uh, I just can't get past the fact that she's like, let's snake glue and do acid. And she's like, she, she doesn't mean it. She doesn't mean it. <laughs> Click Ghost Town. Click Ghost Town. Look at that picture. That doesn't look like her at all. I think it sounds pretty good. You always, if you don't like her as a person, like what you think she is as a person, you're real hard to win over. Because I think if this was someone else, you'd be like, yeah, it's a pretty catchy song. <laughs> right? That's pretty catchy. Uh, let's click the song Una- Unapologetic on. Bitch. Let's click that song. Oh, great. Downloading this. I think that's pretty funny. <laughs> that's pretty funny. But All right. I really do think I know people that will yeah. be downloading this. Yeah. And will they be already listening have. to it over and over and over again. I, I think, will not be one of them. Yeah. Uh, I like Madonna. I think her music is fun. I think those are fun pop songs. They wouldn't be my favorite songs, uh, but I really enjoy those. I think that song, I think that song, uh, Unapologetic <laughs> Bitch, is funny. I, shall I get this for you for Christmas? Um, Unapologetic Bitch. If you want to gift oh, me. Oh, she has Nicki Minaj. Yeah, on the song Bitch on Madonna. <laughs> bitch on Madonna. Click it. I can only imagine what this video is going to be like. Britney, I'm Britney, bitch. Is, it, is, is that a song? I'm Britney, yeah. bitch? Is that a new trend that's happening <laughs> no, among singers? No, I think that's been out for a while. Really? Yeah. No, but is that a song? Well, there's a song, and in it, she's like, no, I'm pretty sure I'm not up for my uh, Britney. Uh, 
there's that one uh, Britney Spears song, uh, Three, which is about threesomes. And, uh, <laughs> but the lyrics to that, I thought it was really funny at first because, play that song. Uh, I'm go, trying to find, which one is it? Um, uh, put in, yeah, yeah, Britney Mission didn't bring anything up. So, uh, click, uh, three, Britney three. Um, um, I thought it was, uh, unavailable. Just click lyrics. Oh, I just want to see what the lyrics are. It's inappropriate. Oh, it's inappropriate. So you have a, uh, <laughs> this click one. lyrics. Yeah. I think. These look catchy. Yeah, it's the one that goes one, two, three. I thought it. I thought oh, it says yeah. one, two, oh, three. I know that song. The lyrics are one, two, three. Not only you and me, but I thought. I think if you listen to it, it sounded to me like she was saying one, two, three. Otto, Neil, and me. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. That I thought like, oh gosh, this is like a really creepy trio. Otto, Neil, and Britney Spears. Like Otto just sounds like such a barbaric name. <laughs> and Neil is kind of a, you know, normal, like, no. oh, it's Neil. The new- <laughs> Otto, Neil, and me. And I thought, oh, what, like that, I kind of like that I thought her version of, uh, her, her song about threesomes was, uh, so, like, creepy specific. and specific. Yeah. Well, it's just me and Otto and Neil, and that's how we do it. But Otto, Neil, the and new, me. um, the new Britney, you can't press it. The new the new um, Taylor Swift song, I keep thinking she's saying Starbucks lovers. Oh, really? But I don't know what... What did she say? In Shake It Off? Or in a, uh, is there a new one since then? There's a blank space. Okay. And she says... Do I, you like Taylor Swift? You have... Oh, the heating's back, so the audio's not getting more. You have a thing with... Um, I, I just don't like the idea of someone always... Every time... Like, I wouldn't ever have my child date her because... All she's going to do is write a catchy song that but like, that's true. mocks and harasses I feel, them. I feel like that's true of a lot of songwriters. Like, but it seems like her only thing. No, but she does real catchy pop songs. She does, and I, I get think annoyed that's a false, when I start I think that's I start a false narrative on her. I think she gets unfairly tagged. Bob Dylan wrote a ton of songs about people that he was involved in, <laughs> and nobody gives him shit about anything. John Lennon did it. Like Everybody did songs where they were like, Guess what? We're done. <laughs> like, that's not a new thing. Yeah, um, I guess not. She's also, like, how old is she? She's, like, 21? No, she's older than that. How old is Taylor Swift? Look it up. <laughs> Look oh, it up. God. No, well, you but you always, a, You should only do interviews in front of computers. In front of computers. Um, it's great that I don't have to look it up. You just type it. Uh, how old is she? So she is... She was born in 89. So how old is... She? Okay, so she is not very old. She 25. is... 25. She's 25. Now, she's already done a ton of stuff. Yeah, she's, um, she's impressive, but... But you have a thing, though, because uh, you are hard on singers. Maybe, let's figure it out. Are there male... I'm sure there's lots of male singers that you don't just don't like because they seem like jerks. Yeah, I'm just really not up on music. That's, but yeah, that's that fair, But that might too. be also, also but like, that. But, but I feel like... You're not anti-Madonna because you don't like the song Like a Prayer. You're anti-Madonna because she seems like... She's annoyed you with her personality, like, with her kind I, of, like... I really liked Madonna up until 
maybe 10 years ago. And okay. then it's just, I, you don't think I she's think aged that, that gracefully. One where she, yes. I think the video where she came out and she was in the leotard and the workout thing and it was just, she was humping everyone. It was just like, but she's always, I just everyone. don't need, I know, but it, there just comes a time where you just put it away. Maybe, but I don't know if like, I mean, you can still be, I mean, I don't, maybe I mean, it'd be Cher interesting. didn't bother me. Like, but I just, I feel like it's but not Cher is as always, much in But your Cher face. has always been less sexualized. She'll she'll be glam, yeah, and she'll wear revealing outfits. But yeah. I feel like when Cher wears, I mean, Cher, Cher has never been, like Cher started off where she's like, I'm with Sonny Bono, which right. is like there couldn't be anything less erotic than coming out with that <laughs> as your main like entrance to show business. All right. So I, I feel like she's always been a little bit asexual. Even when she's doing things that are like, I'm wearing a real, like an outfit that's like a spider web and no clothing. Yeah. Um, whereas Madonna always feels like aggressively sexual with her image. Now, it would be interesting to see what Madonna would be like if she just fully embraced, like, oh, I'm an older woman and I don't do what I used to do. But I think people would be, I think people would be lousy about, I think people would have a bad attitude about Madonna no matter how she aged. Because I think if suddenly she just started wearing like, like uh, um, um, I'm not asking her to wear pantsuits. Yeah. I'm just saying like, like if she started wearing what's that maybe uh, polyester like I outfit. <laughs> Grandma used to wear. Yeah. I just don't. I don't understand the whole trend of everyone not wearing pants anymore. It's like it's not even like a small dress. It's just they're wearing like a leotard with their bum hanging out. You also. I remember you and mom are both like this. Like you don't. <laughs> Like, Madonna could come out with a catchy pop song, and you guys would, your initial reaction would be like, I don't like Madonna. But it won't be because of the song. Like, if Lady Gaga yeah. came out with some of the songs, would you, do you like Lady Gaga at all? I'm indifferent to Lady Gaga. If Sia came out with Unapologetic Bitch, you'd probably think it was funnier than Madonna coming out <laughs> Maybe. With but I listen to, I don't listen to a lot of pop. Yeah. I probably listen to more pop than yeah. you do now, I'm realizing. I listen, I listen to more, like, country and, like... Yeah. In, like different eclectic type well, of. You listen to, to more old country than new country, though, right? How much new country do you listen to? Um, I'm delving into it a little bit more. Yeah. I'm a little bit more open to it, so. Mm. Well, let me let me. I really like um, the kind of on the cusp of country that Who's are your like, pushing the boundaries. Um, Casey Musgraves. Casey Musgraves. Yeah. Name seems familiar, but I couldn't tell you anything. She's she, some of her songs are quite funny as well. Okay. So, um, but you guys, I remember you and Mom were both uh, very kind of like down on Amy Whitehouse. Amy Whitehouse. I like I like her. I liked her music. Um, I liked her music. Was it more Mom that was I think down it was on her? Mom. She, yeah. She just didn't I'm, like I'm her conflating reputation. you two together. So when Amy Winehouse was out, uh, you because uh, I like all of her songs. Almost. Everything yeah. I'm familiar with, I think, is great. Uh, but I feel like sometimes people people have a different attitude towards her self-destruction than they had about, like, Kurt Cobain. I yeah. feel like those comparisons are kind of apt in that everyone was, like, sad about Kurt Cobain, but kind of almost elevated it to, like, they were, like, wish it hadn't happened. But it felt like he got, like, he didn't get a bunch of people saying, like, it feels. It felt like people were less judgy about Kurt Cobain being a nightmare and killing himself. <clears throat> well, than it's they also were a about. different time because That's you didn't have as, well. as much information. Like we were knowing that she was doing crazy stuff, like 
yeah. the day she was doing it, like walking around in ballet slippers and yeah. Um, yeah. But it does seem like people are more open to the crazy now. What's your favorite Christmas song? Do you have one? Baby, it's cold outside. Yeah. Maybe? I don't know. I I haven't gotten that to one's coming for a lot of heat in recent years. Because it's a little creepy, like he might be drugging her. Yeah, it's not a song for the Bill Cosby era. No. Um, uh, oh, I guess, I don't know, Bill Cosby, uh, the new Bill Cosby era. Right. Um, yeah. How do you feel about that? Are you... Ugh, it's horrible. It's horrible. It's horrible. I mean, what's horrible about it is realizing that he... He's... He got away with it, essentially, up until now. He got away with it because everything about him, he's so talented and had such tremendous charm. And you realize that all the things we like about Bill Cosby are the things that allowed him to be a monster. So you're, you're pretty set on that this definitely happened. I don't think... It doesn't make sense that this many women... Yeah. They don't seem like they're... I'm not saying that yeah, I, yeah. Don't, I don't believe it. I'm yeah. just... I mean, right when I heard it, I was listening to this nobody CNN, wa- Nobody wants to. And I was like... I was like, ah, sounds about right. So you instantly, you were like... Did you always... Did you like Bill Cosby before that? Uh, yeah. I saw him on Jimmy Fallon, and I was like, oh, there's something, like, amiss. Like, he just seemed like he had just wasn't quite with it. Yeah. But it just seemed like, ah, I could see that. And then uh, some... I went home, and I got the exact same re- reaction from David and one of our friends. Where they so were like, like makes what, sense? What do, you think, uh, what do you think about this? And they're like, eh, probably real. Yeah. I don't yeah. think... I, I think the people who doubt it are very uh, uh, <clears throat> few and far between at this point. Because there's but just That no was re- very early on. That was at the very beginning, whenever they first kind of came out. Well, the other thing is, there's sort of a thing that happens when people get older where... Like, even, even if you didn't know about these uh, these things that he's done, even if you didn't know about that, if you were to just watch him on a TV show as an old man, he was less charming. Yeah. And feels like he, at some point, stopped being as charming as he had been when he was younger because, there's to a certain extent, he's already gotten away with that. Um, my mom's coming down the stairs now. And she's... Uh, I'm going to talk to mom tomorrow for this because okay. she's not feeling well today. Yeah. Um, what's happening? Oh, right. Connor has to give it to him. I'll do it. Right? Connor has to give it to him. Because it's my turn? Yeah. Okay. I think there's just like if you... Oh, as far as whether he'll take it? We're talking about whether my dad is going to take his medicine. I think just women of my age shouldn't be near it. Oh, right. Okay. There's actually a hazard to There's handling a hazard. it? Yes. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Right. So I'm... <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's... We've recorded about 50 minutes. That's good. Thanks for yes. appearing on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Um, do you have anything you want to... That we, you feel it hasn't been tied up in terms of what we were talking about? We talked about music, we talked about culture, we talked about your work. I feel like I didn't have a very good answers for any of them, but... Well, that's a normal feeling. Is I mean, it? It's just a conversation. It doesn't, there's no correct answers. I get very nervous with interviews. I it's mean, not really an interview, we're just talking. Okay. Yeah. Does this feel like an interview? Uh, not really. No. 
But I had an experience. I, I was interviewed for a magazine that's coming out next month. And what magazine? Let's promote it. BMSD. It's for VMS- visual. It's visual. BMSD. Is this a magazine people can buy, or is it a trade magazine that it's you? It's a trade magazine. So I guess you could buy. I don't. BMS know. was it like if you went into a bookstore or, no, or a magazine store, they wouldn't have BMSD no. magazine. No, you, thank <laughs> it God. It sounds medical. Thank God. <laughs> um, VMSD visual merchandising display stuff. Yeah, and I. No, no. VMSD uh, <laughs> visual merchandising sales displays. <laughs> I'm looking it up right now. The exact. Visual merchandising and, and store, store design. design. That's the magazine. Okay, yeah. so the January issue of VMSD Magazine we'll, uh, have, we'll have a feature about you, a, a, well, a small... A small interview and a photo. And what you talk about in that, just what it's like? Yeah. A little bit like what we talked about yeah. before? Yeah, But presumably the I readers like of this, this magazine is, would know what that right. stuff is. Right, this It's is just a little it's bit talking about like trends for 2014, or 2015, sorry. What are you most excited about uh, as, this air, as this year comes to a close? Um... Uh, I don't know. I'm just, I'm excited to move on to 2015 and uh, have a vacation. I'm looking forward to a vacation. Yeah. You going to go someplace? Yeah. Where? Uh, I think we're going to the Dominican Republic. All right. Well, have fun. Thank you. All right. I'm going to turn off the record. Okay. Goodbye. All right. Bye. (laughs) But don't, it's not the end of the podcast. It's just to fill in a huge gap in the recording. Have you ever been to the bed store at Macy's? That's the part of the podcast no. that I'm most sad that people don't get to hear because we were just did browsing you, did and... Did you try out beds? We didn't try out beds, but we had a, a fascinating conversation with a really friendly guy. That worked in the bed store? That worked in the bed store, and he didn't know we were recording him. So it was just a nice, natural conversation with a guy who did not do a hard sell on us. He was oh, just like nice. We were just asking him questions about mattresses, and he was answering them. Um, but it's gone. We don't have the recording. You yet. went to Macy's in Herald Square? Yeah. It was real busy. Yeah, that sounds yeah. like a nightmare. Yeah. Well, it wasn't busy the further up you went, because we just kept going up and up and up and up yeah. and up. And it's nine floors, right? Yeah, and you can go down as well. Yeah. Oh, oh they're downstairs. Yeah, there's, there's, we didn't go down there's below lower the earth. Levels. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm going to stop recording okay. now. All right. So that was private time with Connor and his sister, and so now we're going to go to some recording of me and my sister. How did you lose it? What's that? How did you lose it? Uh, the recorder just broke. Fun. Um, have you listened to the podcast before? Parts of it. You haven't? It's okay. No, I've heard parts of it. I haven't done a whole 12-hour stint. So this is our... There'll be a lot of people listening to this. Okay. So you have to determine what, what, the stuff that you want to say and what you don't want to say. Okay. Just, that's my warning. Don't top. share my life secrets. Right. <laughs> so... You're leaving tomorrow. Yes. Where are you going? I'm going to Mexico to see my husband's family. Okay. Where in Mexico is that? Uh, that's in Orizaba, Veracruz. Oh, I guess first we should say, you're, this, this is Katie. This is my sister, Katie. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> I'm Katie, the and famous sister of JD. Famous based on... Based on you. (laughs) Not anything I've done. Um, He's done nothing. And you're my oldest sister. You're not my disabled sister. No. Um, Most of the time. And you're three years older. Yeah. And 
So you're going back to Mexico tomorrow? Yes. Spend New Year's down there uh, with my husband's family in Orizaba, Veracruz. It's about uh, three or four hours from Mexico City. Um, it's where the tallest mountain in Mexico is, um, which is kind of cool. You can see it out my in-law's kitchen window uh, with the snow on top of it. And, uh, yeah, kind of do a typical Mexican New Year's where we do piñatas and dance karaoke and stuff dummies full of fireworks and set them on fire. And what was your New Year's last year? My New Year's last year was pretty terrible. <laughs> Um, I was teaching a field course in Nicaragua on primate behavior. You also, you have to explain now what you do also leading up to that. Okay. So, um, I am a biologist slash primatologist. So I study monkeys mainly, um, so non-human primates and also humans to some extent. And I study, um, their gut bacteria. So the good kinds of bacteria we have in our intestine that helps us digest food um, and also influences our immune system, our behavior, all that sort of stuff. Um, I actually just did an online course on Coursera about that, and I think we're going to run it again in the spring. Is this an advertisement for your online course? Yeah, it is. (laughs) You said lots of people are going to be listening, so there you go. So if any of you 12 heads want to learn about uh, gut microbes, go to, what is it? Coursera. How do you you spell that? Coursera. So it's a platform where you can take a lot of online classes. It's C-O-U-R-S-E-R-A. And our course is Gut Check. And you can sign up to get a reminder that, you know, when we decide to run it again, which will be sometime this spring. Do you have to pay for that? Nope. Totally free. So 12 heads. If you want to learn about uh, primate and human-based gut microbes from my sister, go to Coursera and look up, what was it? Gut Check. With Katie Amato. Yeah. Are you Katie Amato or are you listed as Katie Morales? Uh, Catherine Amato. Catherine Amato. Dr. Catherine Amato. Dr. Catherine Amato. <laughs> you, when did you get your, you got your doc, you got your PhD last year, right? Or two years yeah, ago. Yeah, last year. Mm-hmm. Has your life changed? And, and Do you introduce yourself as doctor? Uh, not usually, just in formal settings. Uh, most of the research crowd I hang out with doesn't really demand to be called by doctor. I don't know. seems kind of weird too. Right. Especially like I taught a class last spring and I'm still not that much older than a lot of the college kids that are in my classes. So it feels weird to be like, you must call me doctor. (laughs) Do you feel like a doctor? Uh, yes and no. It's like that weird thing when you're growing up and you still feel the same as you used to, even though you're a lot older, it's kind of that kind of deal. Um, although Getting a PhD was sure a whole lot of work, so I, I deserve something for it. That's for sure. Sure. Um, and I know a lot more than I did before, so. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Um, so I interrupted your. I interrupt a lot of stories. That's I've realized I do that a lot in doing this podcast. So I interrupted the story about your New Year's last year to have you describe what you did. Yeah. Um, so. I was teaching a field course in primate behavior uh, with the Madeiras Rainforest Conservancy on Ometepe Island in Nicaragua. It's basically these two giant volcanoes coming out of Lake Nicaragua in in Nicaragua. Um, It's a pretty cool place. Um, My class was really small. I had four students, and uh, 
Turns out none of them were really field biologists, but they didn't really figure that out till they got down there. Um, so it was kind of an interesting vibe in the class in general. And then, um, I don't know, for some reason I was like exhausted on New Year's Eve. So I didn't want to be awake, but I had to be awake because I was with these students and, um, there was a bonfire, but then there were some neighbors next door who were like shooting off like real legit fireworks, like the giant ones, just like by themselves. And uh, at some point, the fireworks stopped looking like they were going straight over and they started to look like they were being like kind of aimed towards us. I'm pretty sure it wasn't malicious intent, but it also seemed like a really bad idea to be aiming fireworks. <laughs> like, or like the idea of like drunk people like, hey, let's shoot these off towards those people. I know. <laughs> And then uh, they all they came over to say hi and like brought all this alcohol and they also had this like laser pointer that they said would like make you blind if they pointed at your eyes and they were trying to light stuff on fire with the laser pointer and it was just a really surreal New Year's Eve. Um, yeah, not 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 one of the top on my list. I'll say I was pretty much torn between worrying whether I was going to get like burned by some random explosion from these next door neighbors and like trying to stay awake and look alert for these students who weren't let's say not partaking in the festivities themselves very much sure so yeah hopefully this year will be more fun and more relaxed are you looking forward to going i am yeah i haven't been down there in a while um i miss the food a lot it's very good although we'll see how that goes because because I haven't been in there in a while, it might not agree with me either. Right. Um, and I actually prefer New Year's down there. In in the U.S., it's... I don't know, half the time I don't have fun in the U.S. Because it's like all this pressure to like go out to a party or a bar or something like that. And if you don't do that, a lot of times I feel like I just end up sitting at home. Um, and in Mexico, it's really a family holiday. And it's like a big party. Like you would have a, you know... Christmas or Thanksgiving party with your family and I just think it's more fun it's like a right. built in activity <laughs> so I don't have to worry about what I'm going to do yeah and are you looking forward to next year I am yeah I think there's going to be uh, a lot of things happening next year a lot of changes um, professionally and personally so it'll be interesting to see how it goes it feels like you're down you're are you purposely not bringing up? Yeah. Okay. Just in case. Okay. Yeah, we can leave. Yeah, we can leave that to the not twelve heads. We'll speculate as to what's. I hope I didn't mention it. I don't think I did. Are you gonna cut this out? No. Uh, no, I'm not gonna cut anything else. So don't say okay. anything you want to say. Yeah. I don't think I mentioned it. I don't think I knew. I don't know in the last when did the didn't, when did the information that I gained when did I gain that uh Thanksgiving mm. then I did know eh, it's not a big deal, yeah did I mention it? I have no idea weird I can't tell you because it was one of the little parts I listened to right <laughs> that's fine. Um, and how would, how would you rank your 2014? Um, good. It was good. Um, 
you know, I, I had just moved to Boulder at the end of 2013, and um, I really started getting the groove and like it in 2014, really enjoy being out there, hiking, getting to know more people, being, you know, more part of a social group than, like, the new kid. Right. Um, so that was fun. Um, and, yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed it. It was kind of a transition. End of 2013 was rough, finishing up the PhD and then moving somewhere new. Yeah. So 2014 was a nice kind of transition. Sure. And this in this episode... Oops. Uh, sorry, I'm going to make sure this is... Still recording. It is. Um, this was like sort of our holiday episode. Okay. So where do you rank in holiday festivities? Are you a big holiday person? Yeah. In fact, I will say uh, <laughs> that the part of the podcast that this is replacing, that we get deleted, is where I found many of your gifts, your holiday gifts. Like past gifts? No, this the ones that I got you this year. Oh, I thought you meant stuff I gave you that you were treasuring forever. No, I... Th- <laughs> uh, well, when we record the podcast, I do carry all the audio equipment... <laughs> Listeners will hear me complain about not knowing how to carry all the equipment, and then I always relent to using the messenger bag that you got me. Nice. And then I go, I don't know, it's not going to work, but whatever, we'll go. And I walk (laughs) out with that. Nice. And you got me another messenger bag this year. This is now, that's a a theme. Yeah, mom and dad did, they upgraded you. Oh, yeah. I got you the accessory for the bag. Exactly. (laughs) Um... Yeah, I'm a pretty big holiday person to the point where I think sometimes it annoys people that aren't. Well, I'm not. I don't know that I'm obnoxious. Well, I, I will like say this: light displays outside and stuff. But I feel like you're someone that has a certain amount of nostalgia for tradition. Yeah. And I think sometimes it can bother you when the modern traditions not match up with the childhood traditions. Yeah, that's true. I think uh, I, I've started to get over that a little bit. I feel um, like there was at least a period where I, it would it'd feel like you were trying to recapture the, the same steps absolutely. of what holidays would be from childhood. Absolutely. And I would say that was like hardcore probably like three years ago or so. And I'm, I'm not going to say that I'm totally, that I'm not doing it at all anymore. Sure. But I feel like I'm less focused on it than I was. What was the thing that bothered you the most about this holiday? The thing that you most wished, most. wished had gone better? Man. Uh, what was like the tradition that you were like, really, we're not going to do this? This is the thing we always do, we're not going to do this? Oh my god, we didn't do Platky at Christmas. Oh yeah. I didn't even realize that till right this second. Describe what that is to people who might not know. So Plaki, I mean, I'm probably saying it wrong, but that's how we always say it. That's the Amato family yeah. approximation of it. Yeah, yeah pronunciation. Um, it's a Polish tradition that we get from my uh, dad's family, from his mom, and we exchange... It's like pieces of bread, but it's like communion bread from church. So it's like wafer, I guess is the right word. Um, you, Everybody gets like a big piece of wafer. Oh, it is the same thing, isn't it? Yeah. I never realized that. Mind blown. <laughs> but it's, instead of like, uh, I don't know, if you've ever gone to a Christian Catholic church yeah. that gives out communion, it's like the like circular 
it's like styrofoam discs, edible styrofoam discs is what it tastes like. It's like, you know, like a weird wafer, but this is a, this is like a, usually like a 10 inch by five inch square with usually some sort of uh yeah, like scene from the Bible imprinted onto it. Yeah. Yeah. Or and like we, some image of Mary. Yeah. Yeah, and we, usually nobody gets a whole one to themselves. They like break it in half, everybody gets a half, and then you have to go around to everybody at the party and exchange a piece with them. And I think that's supposed to be like, you know, wishing peace or happiness. I, it's literally breaking bread, quote unquote, with everyone at the party. Yeah. Yeah, true. Um, so you go around to everybody and do that. And it's always funny because, you know, sometimes somebody will break off a giant piece and then you get to the end, you've got a tiny piece. So, you, like, people are breaking off, like, well, so what you do thumb it, to exercise pieces. You don't break yeah, that piece true. and hand it to them. You, you offer, your, offer out your big piece and then the person breaks off a small piece to take themselves and eat. Right. And then inevitably someone accidentally, like, bends it in a way where they take, like, half of your giant <laughs> thing, and they're like, oops, and you're not going to be like, hey, give me back a bunch of it, but then you have to get to, like, 20 more people, and you only have, like, a square inch of wafer left. Right, or everybody's so worried that that's going to happen that they take tiny pieces the whole time, and you end up with, like, a whole thing left that you just have to, like, eat, Yeah, which also isn't super fun, and <laughs> it's not like it tastes like anything. Right, and we have a relatively large family. So that process takes a long time. Yeah. I always kind of liked it, though. Yeah. I didn't even realize we didn't do that this year until you made me start thinking about what we did and didn't do. Wow, we missed that. Yeah. Um, what else? I don't know. This year we went with both sides of the family. Right, which in previous years we've had to choose between our mom's side and dad's side. Yeah, we, Not, and that, that sounds, I don't wait, like. That sounds like that sounds like our parents are divorced. Oh yeah, no. There's just usually two separate parties. They both just both sides of the family usually have the same a party on the same night, so we've had to decide right. between the two. Right. This year, one was on Christmas Day and one was on Christmas. Oh no, one was the day before Christmas Eve and yeah. one was Christmas Eve. Yeah. And then we got Christmas Day to ourselves. Yeah, we didn't do anything. I slept on the couch for like two hours. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so in past years when we haven't gone with one side of the family, that's kind of a bummer, but we had that this year. And this is the first year in a while that we have, that most of that family has been together, aside from one of the aunt-uncle-cousin yeah. groups. And I think this is the first year that we were surprised at how much all... Because you and I, on that side of the family, are the eldest of... Uh-oh. 21 grandchildren 21 grandchildren that includes everybody right um and we're the closest one in age to me is five years younger than me so we are always the older kids yeah so every picture was always like us towering above like 21 six-year-olds and now they're all in high school and college for the most part you know it's yeah. From, like, infancy up to that, but skewing more towards high school and college now. Yeah, and I'm, like, the short one at six foot tall. Yeah, and it's <laughs> and it's six foot four. I was having trouble in the photo making sure that I was able to be seen in the back because I'm no longer the tallest one, one of the cousins. Yeah. There's, like, three or four that are taller than me. 
Yeah, and I think that was slightly more of a jolt for you at Christmas just because we right. were here for Thanksgiving. So right. I had like the initial shock at Thanksgiving and then was ready for it at Christmas. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's pretty intense. It's like when I came home from college and you were bigger than me. And I was like, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we also didn't do our, our basketball game. Yeah, which we used to do our basketball game, but both you and your husband were medically unable to. True. Yeah. Which, and we had to go to the David Bowie thing. Right. We went to a David Bowie uh, exhibit at the Chicago Museum of Contemporary Art. Oh, yeah. We're in Chicago. We're in the north suburb of Chicago right now, um, which was fun. Yeah. So we missed that. Although that's only been a tradition for like three years. Right. Because... We organized that at... Awake. Well, it's also... <laughs> oh, yeah. At our grandfather's wake, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's also... It started as... Uh, our uncle has three kids, one of whom's in college now, a freshman, one of whom's a freshman in high school, and the other one's in eighth grade. And... Three years ago, when one of them was high school and the others were like in eighth grade, sixth grade, we had a much higher chance of winning the basketball game because we're we're basketball playing athletic athletic people. Yeah. But then now that our uncle is six five, his sons are both six four. Yeah. And very athletic, and his daughter is six foot. Six one. Yeah, I still have her by a little tiny bit. Yeah, like half an inch. So Which doesn't really. Count. We probably <laughs> saved a lot of face by not being able to compete this year. True, although you were going to switch it up to soccer, which I would have liked to have seen. We would have won in soccer. I couldn't have contributed both, anything, but both myself and your husband played soccer. Yeah. Hello, mom. Hi. We're recording private time with Katie for twelve hour day. Oh, private time with Katie. Sounds kind of sketchy. That's what we call it. When, when it's non... Con, non uh, I don't Connor know. Connor and JD. Connor and JD. We have to record stuff. Because originally it would be... We'd record the podcast and someone would go... If anything went wrong, we'd record quote-unquote private time, which meant Got it. it would just be me or Connor sort of monologuing to fill up time. Got it. But, yeah. What do you think 12 heads would want to know about Katie? I'm talking to my mom now. Uh, probably what your relationship is and uh, how you're the same and how you are different. That feels more like something you'd have to... <laughs> yeah. How are we the same and different, Mom? <laughs> I always say you'll get to the same place, but you'll get there by totally different paths. Usually it'll come up sort of in the same... The same decisions, but your processing is completely different. Would you like to it's probably true. expand upon that? The, our listeners can't hear you right now. They can't hear me? No. Oh. You have to like sit there if you want to say that. No, because then I'm on, in, the, in the airwaves for all eternity. Well, we'll do our own private time later. Who? Our own conversation. <laughs> you and I? Yeah. Oh. So what were you saying about Katie and I? Sit down if you're, you're still too far away. <laughs> I was saying that your listeners might want to know more about 
your relationship and how you're different and how you're the same and how you get along or how you don't get along. <laughs> Mostly you get along. But I always, and then you asked me how I thought you were this different or the same. And I said that, I always said that, you know, you'd always end up in the same place, but you just got there by different means. Meaning, if you were both trying to make an important decision or something that was significant, you'd probably both end up making primarily the same decision, but that you would get there through different processing. Like, Katie is very empirical and logical, even though she doesn't always sound like it, but she does everything like pros, cons. And you're, J.D., you're more sort of abstract, emotional. You have the logical part of you, but I think you, 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 uh, you have a different way of um, envisioning concepts than your sister does. So that's my main thing. Kind of goes back to the whole Lego thing, which you already told on 12-hour day once, that you'd have a game where you build Legos, cars, and bang them into each other to see who'd win. And Katie finally, not finally, after about three times, she figured out all she had to do was make a huge, big Lego box on wheels. <laughs> it wasn't even a... Yeah, go ahead. It, it was, was just like awesome. a big, It was just like a big square. It was like the Borg. <laughs> It was indestructible. We threw it at a wall once and it didn't break. It was awesome. But and see, even though you knew that that would always smash your Lego thing, you would make your guy, you'd always have a driver in yours. <laughs> you'd always have like wings and like some kind of flourish or whatever because to you, the point wasn't like that you really stood up to her, but that like it was like, you know, like. It looked good. <laughs> I don't know if you, I don't know if you ever noticed this part, but there there was at least once, if not a few times, that I tried to make a cool one like you did because yours were so cool and I wanted to, and it just got me really angry because mine always looked dumb when I wanted them to look cool. <laughs> so I just was like, I was sticking with the brick. <laughs> right. Well, the game was that we'd make these things and we'd put them at the top of the stairs and push them off. Right? That's what I remember. No, I remember no. us ramming them into each you other. I remember ramming them into each other, yeah. and I also remember pushing them on the stairs. But inevitably, I would spend three hours putting together this yeah. thing, and the first time out, it would literally every piece would explode <laughs> to the point that it was just literally nothing stuck together again from mine. And yours was completely... It was just you made four walls that were attached, and then you put the, like... <laughs> Whatever the like the most basic four wheels in the bottom. So if yours broke, it was because the one wheel piece came off. And you go, oh, there we go, and click it back. <laughs> or I would I remember making the rules like no, if it comes off, you have to keep it off. So you go okay, but then you couldn't move it because it was just a box. So then the game was just me ramming things into a wall. <laughs> well, here's an, another example, and this is an example we've told the story of before, but. When you were very little, you spent a whole afternoon building wings for your bike, <laughs> right? Out of cardboard. Right. And taping them to your bike. And it was like a huge production. You were in the garage for like an hour and a half. And it was all because you were pretty sure if you rode that bike fast enough, it would fly. But I didn't just, ta I didn't just tape wings to the bike. 
there's another important element. Well, this was the important element After that I it was remember. Suggested. That Katie and I sat on the front stairs, the stoop of the house, while you rode as fast as you could in front of the house and like would lift, you know, kind of like jump the bike up to see if it go off. And we watched you do this like three times and I was always like, yeah, it might work. You never know, you know. And Katie would just sit there and watch you and like the third time she just says, you need a power source. And you said, right, good idea. And then you went back in the house and got two double D batteries and you taped those to the bike too. (laughs) And proceeded to ride it down the block as fast as you could. And Katie just shook her head after a while and went inside. Well, you figured out the bike wasn't going to fly because you tried to make it fly with your taped-on batteries and your cardboard wings. And Katie just sort of, like, you know, logically thought out, like, that's not going to work, you know, because, of course, engines need this and that and the other thing. And she was just like, you know. But you were like that when you were little, too. Katie would observe something for a long time and figure it out. And, you know, like if there was a stool, she'd look at the stool. But you were on the stool, pulling the stool, pushing the stool, climbing on the stool. Oops! Stool fell over. Right. So. Or we are in a yard and there was a dog loose. And Katie would observe <laughs> her and go, mean. I'm scared of the dog, but we need to get mom. Great, the solution is push Katie down the slide. <laughs> I would like to publicly apologize for that. That was pretty terrible. But I was also terrified, so... I but, know. but you also have that long-term, um, you know, anger about JD because whenever you played Mutant Ninja Turtles, they made you be April. <laughs> that wasn't JD in his defense. <laughs> he got sucked up in the crowd of boys. Yeah, that was uh, Peyton the boy. And Spencer was that one of the kids' names? <laughs> Peyton the boy, Peyton the girl. It wasn't Peyton the girl. It was the only boys. It was the boys that lived next door and their giant dog bear. Oh right. I don't it was the, the, the three of them. I thought there was a kid named Spencer. I don't think so. I we have a weird memory of. You had a, a friend named Spencer once. <laughs> but I do remember I that. Yeah. I don't remember who, where. Oh, in South Carolina, maybe. No. Did I tell you? Oh, I think I did tell you about this. I mean, we can't talk about it too much here, but I heard it already. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Weird. S s s s s s s d d d d d d d. No way. I need to hear about this later. Um. Well, 12 Heads already heard it, but I'll basically just say that person from my past. I'm not going to say the name again because yeah. people no. already connected yeah. the dots when that person said it. Uh, he went to college with a friend of mine. And his dad was actually a chaplain in the Navy. Okay. And then oh, he was a chaplain? He was a chaplain. Interesting. Yeah. Um, but the boy, the little boy, used to torture you every day on the way to school because he would literally talk the whole way. And it wasn't that he was talking because he had something to say. He was talking in order that you wouldn't get to talk. And so you would get so frustrated with him not giving you an opportunity to respond or something, and it would just drive you nuts. And then just to take up airspace, he started doing the letter thing. And then I finally had to pull the car over and say, you need to stop saying that letter. And then he just switched letters. <laughs> so Sounds like you were more upset by it then. Well, you know, yeah. it's the Mother Grizzly thing. <laughs> yeah. You stop taking tea or I will end you. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But yeah. 
But yeah, I thought it was very funny that that was the person that person knew. Yeah. It was very weird. You never know. You never know. Yeah. So anyway. So what else should, what, 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 what's the other things that people, that, what am I leaving out about Katie? That Katie should just <laughs> She's just making that. a horrible face at you. <laughs> um, Would you like to see it? I don't know. You have a um, close but complicated relationship, I would say. Katie and I? Yeah, because there were the, only the two of you with the, the missing piece in between. and so. But I was really mean to you sometimes, so... <laughs> you I mean, I, I also was not... I, I, I remember certain instances of probably alarming uh, retaliatory response on my, on my behalf. The only one I remember, Little I must bear. have blocked the rest, the rest out. Oh, no, I don't remember that. I remember that. I'm still... <laughs> I have him still, though. Right, I know. Didn't, like, destroy him. <laughs> You're no. like, I'm like, oh, my God, we need there's to go to the store. There's a you. bomb inside. <laughs> we, need, we need to go check on him right now. No, I remember one time I was really mad at you, and so I made a noose. <laughs> you did, and you hung him from And hung him from your door handle. <laughs> I don't even remember that. I blocked it out. Yeah. I remember you, you at uh, somebody's house down the street letting a dog out on me. I came to tell you it was dinner time and you just let the dog out on me and it like chased me halfway down the block. Yeah. yeah. Which was funny to you, but it was really scary to me. Yeah, but it was funny to me because well, it was like a nice dog. It was just going to... Yeah, no. I mean, it yeah, true. it was mean. It was it, mean. It, it was, was mean. I'll cop to that. No, the dog was not mean. It was the Gibson's dog. You were dog. playing on my fears. Yes. It was the Gibson's dog. It was the Gibson's Poncho. dog. Poncho. It was absolutely Poncho. <laughs> I don't. I don't think I even knew that dog. Yeah, he it chased was like a me. black lab. He chased me down the street. Did you ever tell your? I had audience, my bike though, so well, I wasn't on foot at least. Right. Your frequent listeners about your strange and bizarre events with squirrels. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! No, this this section's not about me. Okay. This section's about Katie. Okay, but you have to tell that sometime. Cause it's you can bring up you can bring up Katie's strange and bizarre. What's your strange and bizarre stuff? Scared of T Rexes or dinosaurs? Raptors. Raptors. Oh my god! I was just at, did, I, did I tell you this? I think I did tell you this that I was just at a talk in in Jackson Hole where Jack Horner was, who was the advisor in Jurassic Park. Right. And he's like making Velociraptors right now. Yeah, like what on the movie? Right. No, like not even a joke. But not with DNA. They're trying to turn on genes again that got turned off in chickens. So they made chickens with teeth already. Weird. And now they're trying to get the tail to come back. And like, they're trying to make chickens into raptors. Right. And I think it's the worst idea ever. Because they can open doors. <laughs> well, like, it was that one scene in Jurassic Park. Chickens with teeth can open doors or... Velociraptors can open doors. Probably both. I mean, also, I don't want like, a chicken with teeth chasing me around. But either. like, <laughs> monkeys can open doors too. And like, probably are like can do more damage to you than like a Velociraptor probably could do. What? I don't know. A gorilla, Katie. You're a primatologist. Okay, gorilla's not a monkey. Okay, but I, you you knew that I was using the colloquial term. Just no, I to, didn't. Okay. I was imagining a small monkey ooh, coming ooh, at my face. Gorilla versus Velociraptor. Ooh, can't even Are say you it. drunk? No, <laughs> Velociraptor. No, Velociraptor would win. 
No, it wouldn't. Why? It couldn't even reach them with its little Velociraptors, arms. aren't Velociraptors like, like this tall and no. mostly like four feet high? No, I think they're like person size. I think you're thinking of the little mini ones that ate that weird guy with the glasses. Okay, you're, you're mistaking <laughs> Jurassic Park for dinosaur fact. Newman's death in Jurassic Park is not a... I'm looking this up. I'm pretty sure they're big. Thus the differences between you two. Yeah. Although... Although this is the opposite. This is the opposite. Although if they're making them out of chickens, they could be small. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. What if they're making them out of horses? Giraffes? What if they're making them out of people? Yeah. It's people. A bunch of weird humanoid velociraptors. Yeah. Well, when Katie lived here for a while, there was some real... You know how every once in a while, in real life, you will hear a noise that you he, that you know has been used in a movie for some sort of sound effect? Yes. Can I tell you one of those? I go Yeah. Ahead. Well, it happened to me the other day, and I, all I could think of is it had to do with something underwater. <laughs> Katie has just looked up from her iPhone with a look of triumph. No. What? Well, JD's right. They're three feet tall. But... What's the butt? I can see if there's a butt coming. <laughs> right. There's another kind of raptor that's six feet tall. Okay. And that was the one the movie's based on, but they called it Velociraptor, but it's not a Velociraptor. Oh, I think I remember. I remember. Philip they just Rothrock called it a raptor, it. right? I think they called it they a called Velociraptor, Velociraptor in the movie. What was the one that ate the goat or the cow? T Rex. Was... Oh. Was yeah. it? Yeah, it was the T Rex. That was the whole scene with the T Rex. They bring it out and. It's raining, and then suddenly they look over, and it's gone. No, I'm talking about when they when they first got to the center, and they lowered that thing into the cage, and you all you'd see the top of the bushes moving. I think that was the T Rex, wasn't it? Or no? I don't know what was in the cage. I can't remember. See, that's why it was good. Dinonychus is what it really was in the movie. Okay. All right. So go ahead with the sound effect thing. Um, the receipt machines from old New York taxi cabs, now the digital ones don't make the noise anymore, but if you ever yeah. find the old ones, yeah. it was the noise that the smoke machine in Lost would make. Oh. The smoke monster, I'm sorry. Smoke right, monster. Right, They're right. like, like, it was that noise from New York taxi cabs. So I'd walk in the street and you'd hear like that, and I would immediately be like, uh oh. That was the yeah. raptor noise. No, that was the noise of uh, in Lost. Oh, there was a sorry, smoke I monster. We were about well, and I hear the predator noise all the time. I think that's just woodpeckers. I don't you know when they were up in the trees and they oh go, yeah, with that whatever right. that noise was. Yeah, I've never seen that movie, but I've been to the waterfall in that movie. But then there was that one time where you were here, and I was like velociraptors in the bushes. I said something like that because I heard this weird noise outside, and I said. I think I just heard some velociraptors. I think they're in the bushes outside. And you go, well, now I can't walk home. And I go, why? You did. That was really mean. And you, I said, <laughs> why? You go, because there's velociraptors out there. I'm like, Katie. Yeah, because I was walking from here to our apartment. Well, yeah, it's not like it they really... Dark. Z- <laughs> this was like two years ago. In fact, I was just going to say, I'm pretty sure we have to stop talking about this because I'm going to start having nightmares. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um... I was in Winneka the other day, just in the middle of town. And, and you saw the laugh after? <laughs> I heard a sound that I knew was from a movie, and I could not put my finger on it, what the thing was, but all I had a sense of that it was underwater or ocean kind of thing. You know, I didn't know if it was the shark one. 
you know, where the sharks are coming up, deep blue sea or blue, whatever. Yeah. What do sharks dream of? The deep blue sea? <laughs> Jaws. No, there's just these tr- sharks that have been genetically changed. And That's they, deep blue sea. I know, yeah, yeah, there's like a... Like and they eat Samuel L. Jackson thing. within the first, like, ten minutes. Spoiler alert for 1990... Or, 1999 or something, 2000s, right. Deep Blue Sea. Yeah. Weren't they like mutant sharks? They yes. were. They were smart. Their brains were enhanced. Yeah, and they were really, um, and they were just raising the level of the ocean in the center yeah. so that they could get to the non super strong metal right. chain link fence that kept them in. <laughs> chain link fence. I know, that's what it was. <laughs> oh, gosh. So, anyway. All right, well, I'll leave you to, to it because it's getting late here for me. Yeah, we'll wrap up in a second. Okay. Don't talk about me when I'm gone. Okay. Mm-hmm. We're not going to. You have a look on your face that you think we're going to. Right. There's this article in National Geographic the other day that they found a predator larger than T-Rex, but that it was uh, like a water predator. Right. It's kind of cool. Which is, I think, what, have you seen the new Jurassic World trailer? No. The new Jurassic Park movie. Instead of a water thing in it? It has a giant water thing. Cool. Yeah. It doesn't look very good. Well, despite the fact that it gave me nightmares for like five years, the first one was pretty darn good. Yeah. Yeah, it was. All right, so what what other things? What else? Uh... I don't know. What else? There's Are there no... pearls of wisdom? <laughs> yeah, there's there's no real topics on this podcast. Or pearls of randomness. You're likely to get either one with me. Sure. I don't know. Do you think you're a holiday person? Uh, I like seeing family, and I like talking to family. I don't like any of the things. Like you don't I, like the traditions? Don't. Why? Um, because they don't, they won't live up to whatever the nostalgia was. So I don't like trying to repeat them, because then it, it becomes too blatant how different they are. Okay. You know, it just feels like uh, um, it feels like everyone's faking it to a certain degree. Like, just like not bringing up how different it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, that makes sense. I feel like for me, it's even though, like you said, it's been a transition. Right. I feel like it's not that I'm faking it. It's more that I'm learning how to enjoy it, like, differently. Right. But that's why I like when we do stuff, but it's not like, well, we always do this at this time. We always do it this time. It feels like too self-aware and thus, like... Yeah, like too forced... Yeah, like, if, imagine, like, if we had video footage of any of, like, the stories we are just talking about from childhood, they probably wouldn't be as fun as just the memory of uh, 
whatever those weird things were. Yeah. So I don't want to watch my wedding video. Right, exactly. Yeah, it's like wedding videos. You never look back and you're like, wow, how magical. You're always like, ugh. Yeah. I mean, I say that having never been married, but that's my some, that's my interpretation of wedding videos is you sort of never look back at it until you're like, something really sad happened. You're just looking to cut the wound deeper. You don't look back at it. And, <laughs> you know what I mean? You don't look back in celebration ever, I don't feel like. Or if you do, it's... I, I think know. some people do, but I think you... I don't know. I'm not that type of person. I'm too self-critical, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Which is maybe a trait we share. Maybe. Or maybe not. Yeah, no, I think so. Um, Yeah, the only reason we filmed ours was... Well, Samuel would have wanted to film it regardless, but... um, I appreciate that you didn't ask me to film it. No, are you kidding me? Well, you were in it, too. How would you have filmed it anyway? Right, I know, but I feel like that's a natural impulse when anyone knows someone that, like, works in film or television. It's like, oh, you can film that. That can be your wedding present. And it's always like, that's a lot of work. That's a lot of work and really not that fun. I don't know. I don't know if that even occurred to me. It's occurred to me in other situations. Right. <laughs> I won't lie, but I don't know that it did in that one. Um... We did it mostly so that family that couldn't make it could see it. Right. Um, we sent it down there. I don't know if anybody ever watched it. <laughs> right. So. Yeah, I don't know. I Yeah, I think you're right with the tradition thing. I think there's a fine line between forcing it and having it be like a fun thing that happens. Yeah. But. I don't know. I don't have anything wise to say about that, really. Yeah, that's fair. All right. Any final thoughts you want to tell our listeners? I mean, you've got a bunch of captive people somewhere around the world. Various parts of the world. Hmm. Well. I don't know. <laughs> the only thing I can think of is like work stuff. <laughs> Which is really not what we're talking about. It can be. What's the work stuff? Also, 12 Heads, do you see a theme in the uh, Amato family? <laughs> what? That we're well, obsessed with work? Well, every po- every podcast, <laughs> I always have to take work phone calls. I'm always worried about, stressed out about work stuff. So it feels apropos that the time that I'm at home talking with my older sister, you're like, eh, I can only think about work stuff. Well, I don't know that I have any like personal words that are going to actually matter that much to anybody. But see, the fact that you said that was such like uh, disdain in your voice, <laughs> that's like a very telling thing. I don't know. It doesn't have to be personal words, but just well thoughts you're having, things you'd like. I mean, you don't have Twitter or anything, but you can also... Um, one of the things is, like, our, the people that listen to this podcast are very active online and doing stuff. So, like, uh, in the past, they've, like, found uh, seemingly lost footage or gain information or like people be like oh tweet me this and then everyone tweets at this person something or emails someone something or 
So you can also sort of like crowdsource anything, even if it's just like, oh, everybody go, uh... Hey, you guys want to write a paper for me? <laughs> uh... Wait, what would you want the paper to be about? <laughs> There's no way that would ever work. <laughs> It would be like... But if we said the that... The papers I have to write are like scientific journal papers. <laughs> but if we said... If <laughs> if we told our listeners to... There's these sites where you can like have a bunch of authors co-write a thing. Yeah. If we told them to send you a, a, a journalistic paper, they, they probably would pull it together and send you something. <laughs> it would probably not be helpful. They would send you something. It's like you can do that, but, but I'm not going to be able to use it for anything. <laughs> can do that and i'll grade it (laughs) (laughs) okay okay wait so if you if people send you an essay they write no matter what the topic is you will grade it (laughs) i just put a bunch of things on there uh yeah that kind of extended what i just said like by a lot yeah because there's no way i'm gonna grade like 500 papers (laughs) i think you're you're being uh generous to the amount of people that will I was actually impressed in this online course. We did a thousand people turned in their written assignments. Really? Now, granted, there were nineteen thousand people signed up, but that was pretty. That was a lot of people yeah. to turn in an assignment. But I didn't have it's peer graded, so I didn't right. have to do any of the grading. Ugh, God! Even even our online colleges, the professors don't do the grading. Ugh! What a, what a society! I did the grading for the real class I took. I know, I'm kidding. I'm not grading a thousand papers. I'm sorry, that's not <laughs> happening. Because if each paper is like 15 pages, that's 15,000 pages you have to grade. Yeah, no, not happening. Um, Well, then people people just, at least one 12 head needs to take your class. Yeah. Yeah, take it and let us know what you think. I mean, like I said, we don't quite know when it's running again yet, but it'll be sometime this spring, hopefully. How does it work? Is it something you can like download as like a... Almost like a video or audio podcast, or do you have to be there in session, quote unquote? Uh, you don't download it, but you don't have to be there either. Like you watch it when you want to watch it. Okay. Um, so, so it's kind of like a podcast, but you don't download it. So you can't put it on a device. No. Uh, well, you could watch it on a device, but you have to be connected to the internet. You have to stream it. Yeah, okay. you have to stream it. Um, so they could watch your TEDx speech. Could also watch my TEDx talk. Yeah. Were you happy with how that went? I was. I was. That was a really different experience because, um, you know, I'm used to giving talks to kind of either academic crowds or um, like schools, like kids in elementary school or high school or even college, and having more time. And the TED format's very different. It's yeah very short. Uh, they have a certain way they want you to tell a story. Um, so that was difficult for me to kind of, uh, translate what I wanted to say into that format initially, but I was happy with how it came out in the end. Yeah. Um, so, you know, helps to have somebody who writes a lot in the family also to look at stuff. <laughs> yeah. I was laughing. I don't mind have said it on the podcast, but it was the first time that I like understood what you do. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I had to like go through and break it down and be like, okay, here's what some, here's what this is. Oh, and then I was like, oh, this makes... Oh, now I get why you do this. Oh, okay. Yeah. That made it easier. Yeah, so that's why I talk about the, the primate stuff in the TEDx talk. And then the online course, I co-instruct it with the uh, two other people. Um, that's all based on human stuff. Right. But it's formatted for like the general public to kind of um, right. 
be able to digest and understand it for the most part. Um, and yeah, it's like 10 minute lectures and there's like three every week and then interviews with people. So it's pretty easy to look at and listen to because we're basically told people stop paying attention after 10 minutes, which is true. Even I stop paying attention if I'm watching a video after like 10 minutes or so. Right. Um, so, although I think you have more of an endurance crowd here, so yeah, they could maybe handle a more intense course. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah. Yeah, they're, since they're now however many hours into a 12-hour... This episode's going to be long, too. It's going to be like a 14-hour episode. Nice. So, yeah. But, yeah, so any of the, the work stuff, some of it we go through, but, like, we always think that all microbes are bad and bacteria are bad, and that's not true at all. In fact, most of them are good. We just know more about the bad ones because, like, we have to figure out how to fix it. Um, and, like, the idea that maybe antibiotics aren't always good. You know, if you're sick, they're right. good, but... You shouldn't always just take them without needing them. And, um, you know, how microbes in your gut could be controlling the way that you act and feel. And That's weird. Yeah, it's like stuff that you don't normally think about. So that I think the course is kind of cool in that sense because it... How do you get good How do you get good feeling microbes? We're still learning that. that. So that's the thing is like a ton of it, we don't really know the answer. We just know, we've just figured out that there's like these connections that are probably happening. And so the next step is to figure out like, are they actually happening? How are they happening? And then how can we change them? Um, So there's been links with like certain types of microbes and depression and anxiety and um, stuff like that. Yeah. And so like there's been a couple studies that have shown, Oh, you do a probiotic with like this bacteria, it can alleviate some of those symptoms but it's like super preliminary and like we still have to really figure out what's going on what's the downside let's just jump in there i know well downside right is always like weird farts (laughs) yeah perhaps i don't know well it's like you don't want to mess with a system that you don't totally know because you could be messing up other stuff that you have no idea um so that's you postulate Inconclusively, but you say it could be potentially one of the reasons why uh, Westerners are have uh, weight issues is mm-hmm. because of improperly uh, balanced gut microbes. Yeah, well, not balanced, but that we have gut microbes that are different. Yeah, different. Different, at least for sure. Right. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, so if you look at people that live in a non-Western culture, like um, foraging... Uh, this is the radio lab section of the podcast. Yeah, ready? Should I make sound effects and stuff? Yeah. <laughs> like him digging stuff up. Yeah. <laughs> this is a microbe. <laughs> this is a gut microbe. Hello, how are you? <laughs> um... Yeah, if you look at communities that aren't eating, like, processed industrialized foods, they have very different types of gut microbes than we do in Western cultures where we're eating a lot of processed stuff, generally speaking. Um, And, you know, to some extent that might just be a difference because our diet's different, so the microbes we have in our guts are different because we're feeding them different stuff. Um, But that could also be linked to all sorts of other stuff in our bodies that some of it we know there are links. So we know our gut microbes influence metabolism and fat storage and immune system development. And so even if you're just changing the microbes because your diet's different, that could be affecting all sorts of other stuff. And you're saying that we might have those microbes as what was once a evolutionary uh, edge over other 
because when we didn't have food and didn't have stuff like that, ours would produce more energy and store more energy. Mm-hmm. But now that we don't need that, we're it just, just getting makes fat. Us fat. Yeah. yeah, so we still have to do more study to see if that's actually true, but this data that I looked at recently kind of made me think that this could be the case. Um, and it kind of makes sense, you know. Um, you kind of put the pieces together. We have big brains. Big brains are really energetically expensive, so what let us grow them? And there's been a lot of ideas about that over time. One of them is that our guts got smaller because your gut is just as expensive as your brain. Um, so if you put less energy into growing a big, huge gut, you can grow a big, huge brain. Um, we started cooking food, which makes it easier to digest, and you get more energy out of it more easily. Um, but microbes could play a role, too. So you're saying to deal with the weight issue in the United States, we need to not cook our food anymore. We need to eat raw meat and just deal with it. Uh, I'm that's not sure that saying. would be a good heads, idea. Pretty sure that's not what I'm saying. 12 heads, head to the grocery store, throw it right in your mouth, put it down the gullet. Well, no, because we also are adapted to eat those kinds of foods that are easy to digest because our guts aren't big and bigger gut digests stuff more efficiently. Mm. So um, we do have smaller guts than a lot of other primates. And so if you just give it like all leaves, you're not going to survive off like all raw leaves. Um, but less processed foods for sure, like less just like sugar and fat in the shape of a food. Right. <laughs> you know, more vegetables, more whole grains, stuff like that. It's probably good. Um, yeah. I wouldn't do a raw meat diet. It's probably not a good idea. <laughs> you heard it, 12 heads. Cook all your meat. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I, I am biased because sure. I work in that field, but I think that stuff's cool. Yeah. So That is cool. Then go listen to your TED Talk. And then go take your class on Coursera called Gut Check. Gut Check. Yeah. That'll be cool. Um, All right. Now you're going to go to sleep because you have to go to Mexico in the morning. Yeah, it's already past my bedtime. It's probably why I'm getting less and less coherent, but you know. No, that's fine. Thank you for for being on 12-hour day. It was an honor. And, yeah, good luck with it. Thanks. I already did one with Allison. Nice. It's about 45 seconds long. It's just her was screaming. It, was that what she were at, we were picking her up? Yeah. That's <laughs> awesome. Although it was weird. I put my phone up to her and she just started laughing. Like, I, something about the phone being close to her. I don't know. She just started cackling. It was really weird. <laughs> Like laughing. Was it making noise? No. No. Do you think there was some sort of... Like she was laughing. She she doesn't something? I don't know. Because she was like laughing. You know, she doesn't laugh. You're kind of creeping me out now. It was weird. I'll play you the audio of it. Okay, but... I mean, not right. I won't play it during this. It might freak me out right now. Freak you out? Why would it freak you out? I don't know. I'm getting freaked out. Alright, I'm going to say something weird. I... Maybe you have this too. Do you have? I have dreams where she can talk. Oh, uh, it's really weird. I had one actually recently. I have dreams where she like uh, still can't walk after I carry her, but she like talks and is like sort of wisecracking and like it's weird. I, I always think- wake. I always wake up like like a nightmare. It's weird. 
I think I had one within like the past six months where she was talking. I don't feel like she was wisecracking though. I feel like it was like something was going on that she didn't like and like, I don't know though. It was weird. I don't remember it really. I don't think I would have remembered it unless you said that right now. But I think I had one within the past six months. Yeah, not wisecracking. I, in, I remember one, I don't know the details, but I remember she was like kidnapped or something. Oh. It was weird, yeah. But then when I picked her up, she was like, wouldn't stop talking about it. It's really weird. That's know. a weird dream about our sister. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I don't know. That's weird. Anyways, Merry Christmas, 12 heads. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Merry Christmas. Well, that was my sister, Katie. Bye. Yeah. Is there anything else? No, that's it. Bye. Okay. And there we go. And that's it for private time for now. Uh, there'll be some more later in the episode. Um, but right now, we take you back to the UCB Training Center where Connor and I just realized that we've lost a bunch of the recording. Um, and you can see how upset we are. Anyways, um, and I think we're in the middle of talking with Matt Starr, who you'll remember from a previous episode. Anyways, uh, we'll be back with more private time later, but for now, here we go. Back into the episode. Her mom is, or her mom is buying me sweaters. Although, honestly, she, that's just kind of one of her mom's sort of uh, strange kind of uh, personality traits. Uh-huh. Uh, she isn't, she, she'll buy clothes for anybody. Kind of a little bit, yeah. She likes to shop. But I, I'd say it's a. She, has, uh, she definitely is a term of endearment. She, if she had an issue with you, she's like, I don't like you dating my daughter. She probably wouldn't get you a sweater unless. I can imagine someone getting like if that was that's a nice sweater, but I can just imagine an ugly sweater as an act of sabotage, right? Knowing that I'm an overly polite person who will wear whatever she buys me, yeah. no matter what. Around her, around her, of course. Like I wore the sweater for like the whole weekend. <laughs> When I was there, just being like, look, I like it. Like, thank you very much. I like it. And I do like it. But, like, I made sure that she knew that I liked it, too. JD is real tired. Yeah. He was just rubbing his eyes. I'm going to go buy a seltzer, JD. I got bad news. What's the bad news? We lost power. When did we lose power? I don't know. How long ago do you think we lost power? No idea. I mean, this is devastating to me. I blame your hubris. No, I'm kidding. My hubris? Your holiday hubris. Ho, ho, holiday hubris. I think it was your fault. Why? We did so much holiday adventuring. There's no way we could have... You should stop me, JD. I'm not the technical guy, and you know it. I have no idea. I have no idea when we lost power. Do you think we lost it at Rock Center? No, I think we lost it after that, because I checked on the, as we were walking, I put the headphones on. So we probably just lost Brashad. Yeah, honestly, it might have been his negative vibes. <laughs> John Brashad was on here, and... Uh, <laughs> I don't know whether that part came on. You still should tweet at John Burchard, hashtag boo. And Matt Starr has told some heartwarming star- stories in the meantime. Did we get that just now? Yeah. Okay. Just during the John Burchard thing is when I realized it was <laughs> the power was off. I plugged it in. Um, I just got on my Facebook page, um, Michelle Piazza. Piazza. Uh-huh just posted an article from uh, Esquire that's saying that George Lucas isn't interested in the new Star Wars trailer. <laughs> I think that's great. I want to get his exact quote. If this is true, 
I'm so happy that the real George Lucas is playing the same character game that my yeah. fake George Lucas is playing. <laughs> I was worried that he was going to come. Uh, I think what everyone's really excited about is uh, strange. Uh, His the the pull quote is I don't know anything about it. What does it say here? It says he's a little reluctant to embrace the Star Wars universe now that it resides in the hands of another director. Um, let's see. It says. In a recent interview with Page Six, Lucas was asked what he thought about the widely discussed trailer. Yeah, why is George, why is Page Six George Lucas? Uh, he says, I don't know anything about it. I haven't seen it yet. He plans to see the movie when it's released in 2015, and he hasn't seen the trailer because he likes to go into the theater fresh. <laughs> they say... It's hard not to read a little uneasiness into the director's response when asked if he's curious to see what Abrams has done with Star Wars. He said, not really. I mean, he got a big payday that he supposedly gave mostly to education. There are more gracious ways of responding to those questions if you want to be seen as being classy. Yeah, I agree. With what you said. Matt, what's your pet peeve? Um, just in general? Yep. This is a new segment. It's called Pet Peeves with Matt Star. General. Hmm. Pet Peeves with General Matt Star. <laughs> general Matt Star. I like that. Um, I'm going to go buy a seltzer while you... All right, we're talking about pet peeves right now, uh, and I'm excited to have this new segment. Thank you very much to JD and Connor for uh, letting me have this small bit of the 12-hour block here. And uh, my pet peeve, I think, is uh, ooh, here's one. It's when I go to the grocery store, and like all they have are like the bright green avocados, and I want like a dark green avocado. Like they're selling avocados that I think are not ripe. If that's not the case for avocados and there's like a use for those bright green ones, then please tell me. But I'm pretty sure like avocado-wise... There's different kinds of avocados? There's like dark green ones and then there's like brighter green ones. And I'm pretty sure it's just like ripe and unripe. It's like having green bananas. Oh, they're not ripe. Yeah. I don't like that. Mm. Uh, also... Babies like avocados, right? Uh, baby, <laughs> babies love avocados. <laughs> Uh, I suppose another pet peeve, I kind of had ran into this yesterday. Um, Everyone tweet photos of um, little babies enjoying avocados, <laughs> if, you, if you have them. Yeah, uh, to at Matthew S. Star at Twitter, yeah. on Twitter. You got some followers out of the last hashtag. I did, I, I did. Um, people were very eager to, to read my hometown newspaper, Mansfield News Journal. Uh, it's one of life's necessities. And uh, if you go to the Mansfield News Journal, I'll, I'll re-up from the last time. If you go to the Mansfield News Journal and send me a story from my hometown, I always love reading them. Uh, so if you tweet them at me, at Matthew S. Star, then I will follow you back. Also try to follow Let's sweeten the pot a little. What else will you do? I will also... Uh, <laughs> I just want everybody listening to know that Connor is, sta- is like lording over me right now, drinking a can of seltzer, uh, and just like alpha mailing the the shit out of me right now. Um, the uh, he's not making direct eye contact. He's making sure he is in complete control of this whole moment. 
Um, now he's looming over me. Uh, if you do that, if you tweet at me, uh, either a picture of a baby eating an avocado or... Uh, what the what perverted <laughs> JD left the podcast for two minutes to check his phone he came back he's not like the new direction of the podcast um, I was talking about a pet peeve of mine is when you go to the grocery and they only have like the unripe avocados uh, which are like a brighter green than the right. than like the dark green avocados I don't like that I don't understand what those are used for you hmm? you gotta let it ripen but how like it doesn't time but I like put it in the fridge it didn't it never changed it just stayed that way no, you don't keep it in the fridge. You gotta let it out into the. If you keep it out in the normal yeah. air, it'll it'll be yeah. okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, and then Connor said, "Babies love avocados." <laughs> uh, don't they? Am I wrong? I don't. You're not wrong, but I don't know if you're right. Yeah. Gotta be one or the other, JD. Let's not live in some film noir universe where everything's shaded gray. That's not. There's no. Okay. Uh, so either a picture of a baby eating an avocado. I'm excited to see if they're out there. Uh, or uh, as Maybe always, I'm wrong about this. How come there's that one speck in the UCB, the right eye? The one white speck. Seems weird to me. It's not supposed to just be like a glint in the eye? It is, but there should be more, there should be more glint. And the light's coming from this side, so there's more speck. Connor, do you agree with that? You want more glint? Less glint. No, don't. Connor's on the less glint side. The lights coming from the top. Ooh, I don't know what I want to talk to you about. Have you seen? Have you been to the Chuck Jones exhibit? Yeah. I just went and it blew my whole brain apart. I thought it was absolutely amazing. What amazed you about it? Um, well, first thought like, I. I, I mean, it was like it's it was great. Yeah. But this seems like a disproportionate reaction. I know. I was surprised at how like if I it's the sort of thing where it's like if I ever came into money, Chuck Jones is the artwork that I would want to buy. Do you know I own uh, Chuck Jones uh, cell from the 80s? Is that true? Of what? It's when he, it's when he was doing um, limited edition cells. Oh, did you go to, like, did you like have him draw one for you in like Arizona? No, no, it was, um, they had an exhibit at the Clayton Art Gallery in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. And it was my big Christmas present one year. Still probably the best gift I've ever been given. Yeah. And uh, I have it. It's in Missouri. It's on the wall in Missouri. I've been. It's one of those things I've been reluctant to travel with. Like I've been reluctant. Like I know that if all my New York City possessions are burgled, I'll still own that. Right. Um, but it was when he was doing like he'd do a new drawing and they would do a, a run of it and he would sign them all. There's like 350 of this particular one. Mm-hmm. I've never. It was an early enough one in, when he, he did this for a few years in the 80s. It was an early enough one that his drawing skill was still pretty good, mm-hmm. and I've never seen it. I, I'll do eBay searches every now and again to see if this one, mm-hmm. if anyone's reselling I've never seen this one resold. I think it's early enough one that everyone who got one has been like, I guess it'd be one of those things where at a certain point, there'll be a flood of them in the marketplace because the age at which people still care about it. Right. There's an age where everything show, starts showing up because it's like, oh, it's being passed down a generation, and the next generation doesn't care about it, so they just mm-hmm. like... Sell it. Um, yeah. The, to answer your question of like why I had such a strong reaction to it, I think, was, one, it, it's such like an early influence. You know what I mean? Like, Looney Tunes are such an early influence that you go and you see that, like, I watched a lot of cartoons growing up, but, like, Looney Tunes are the ones that, like, stayed, you know? Sure. And so you just see, just to see it broke down, like, just how good at his craft he was. I just was absolutely blown away at how 
particular he was with making sure that like the weight was always distributed correctly for the characters and that his take on creativity and on, on the originalness of like making sure that yes this, this is a fantastical world but they should all behave realistically it's like I just there was nothing that I disagreed with in the whole art exhibit he's a big rules guy too as far as like if he does the thing it's like these are the rules of this universe mm-hmm um, yeah, they had the rules of the Roadrunner and, and Wile E. Coyote there. Did you listen to, like, you got to hear... Yeah, the, I like that, yeah. The, uh, like, the voiceover booth of Mel Blanc and whoever voices Elmer Fudd. And I thought it's so funny that Elmer Fudd... Elmer Fudd's not also Mel Blanc, is it? Nope. He, Mel Blanc tried a few times. It was... Um, Sorry. Oh, I'm trying to remember the name of the guy. There was, one, there was a guy who did Elmer Fudd mostly, and then when he passed away, uh, there were a few times that Mel Blanc tried to do it, but it was such a specific tone to it that... Well, yeah, the guy who does Elmer Fudd's voice, like, his normal voice sounds like Elmer Fudd. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you haven't been, right, Connor? No, I, this is another thing. My plan was to go the day before Thanksgiving with my dad, but then when they were in have it, now I have to figure out a time, maybe when I get back after Christmas to go. Uh, January 19th. Well, I got to go before then, folks. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it just, like, if there's any... If I could have any piece of artwork... It would be that like panorama of the rabbit season, duck season background, you know. Right. They have a lot of the original backgrounds yeah. there. Yeah. And those They're are really beautiful. Yeah. yeah, really beautiful. One of the I, I was in one of my recent eBay searches where I was looking for the drawings that he did that were they were newer drawings that he would do for the cells. They're really more like limited edition pr- signed prints, but they emulated the form of cells. They were never used for animation. Right. But one of them was a drawing of like a menagerie of all the different characters, each holding duck season, rabbit season, roadrunner season, like, uh, um, and it was all the different characters. And one of it was one of the characters was Pepe Le Pew, and the sign he was holding said "Pretty Girl Season," which really puts a pin in the uh, questionable nature of the premise behind that whole series. Which, to a modern viewer, I, <clears throat> a couple of years ago, they've been. They have never. They started out doing Looney Tunes on DVD, and now they've continued on Blu-ray. <coughs> but they've never come close to doing like a complete run. But they started a series that felt like eventually maybe it would be complete, and then they stopped. And then a few years ago, they started doing this more budget-priced s- series. And there's been a lot of like complaining when they repeat cartoons that were in the Golden Collection releases, mm-hmm. and they'll come out with a release from like, well, we have a bunch of these already. But then there'll be like five new shorts on it. They'll be like, oh, we have to buy that. But there's one disc where they put all the Pepe Le Pew cartoons on one mm-hmm. release. And it's, it's a pretty, like, they're all really well made, but it's a hard slog to get through for a modern viewer because you're <laughs> just like, all these cartoons are just oh, him yeah. pursuing a woman who doesn't want to be pursued and mm-hmm. forcing himself on her. And a lot of the <laughs> cartoons end with something like, she ran into a cave. Now I will go into the cave. And you're just like, oh, like, that's really hard to take Um, or like they get like caught up in rope and are like hanging there and he's like oh now we will do what comes natural you know (laughs) it's just like oh no 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 if if you had to go into an uh, an exec's office and pitch Pepe Le Pew today how would you do it Um, I'd say these aren't for children (laughs) these are I would would assume I would be going into pitch in the offices of Spike TV or something right Right. <laughs> just be like, hey, bros. Uh, <laughs> like, hey, bros. So uh... <laughs> That's the only way. <laughs> hey, bros, I got this cute French skunk that you're going to love. She's a cat, but he thinks. <laughs> um, no, it would be impossible. It would be one of those things where the temptation would be to reboot it somehow, and it would be like when they try to do a modern production of Taming of the Shrew. Like if, 
and they original idea like leaving like they've never heard like Pepe Le Pew doesn't exist like how would you pitch that today I don't know, but like you know how like people will try to do Taming the Shrew now, and they'll change the meaning of the last monologue, and be like, okay, but not really, right? <laughs> like, right. like you're just—it's like when people try to do revisionist Merchant of Venice, right? Where they're like, yeah, it's really like this. And you're like, no, we let's just—we don't mean do that way. <laughs> yeah, um, it's more just like do a different play. I, the, the, I wouldn't pitch it. How would I? I don't know how I would pitch it if I was going in. I because I would have to. I couldn't have the premise be. The joke is a, a cat. Has paint fall on it. Now it looks like a skunk. So the skunk thinks it's a pretty female uh, skunk. And the reason she doesn't want to have sex with him is because he smells bad. But he thinks it's consensual because they're both skunks, according to him. Because he wants it. Um, but he also assumes through, there's a lot of layers going on because he both assumes that she wants it and that she is his species. I would pitch it like this. JD's got uh, it. JD's got this. JD's got it. So, um, this disgusting rodent wants to fuck a house cat, and the house cat doesn't want it, but he makes it happen. Whatever Spike, it Spike takes, TV. Whatever it takes, he makes it happen, and he smells like shit. In the end, she gets it, because he wanted it. Yeah, I just couldn't go into that meeting. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's a hard one because they're really skillfully made if you accept there's something funny about a cat who gets mistaken for a skunk because of that one marking there's something funny about the uh, uh, rapist no there's there's an insouciance to the character (laughs) that that just broke out into sweat. Uh, yeah, <laughs> one of my, one of the two words that I never know as I'm saying it. Am I doing it? Am I gonna nail? Am I gonna land it? Yeah. There's an insouciance yeah. to the character uh, combined with the verisimilitude <laughs> of the setting. This is why the pitch wouldn't work too. By the way, is the yeah, exec would go like, uh, yeah. Uh, what, what was that? I'd have to pitch that to NPR. Do we see his boner? Yeah. Um, I no, don't, no, no, Spike TV. We don't. There's the, the character assumes a lot of things, and there's something funny about his optimism. That's how you're gonna put it. Well, I mean, that's the way his optimism that he's gonna. Do you think like lay well, this well, unwanted? Maybe pitch him as like a manic pixie dream skunk. Well, I mean, JD and I have been pretty hard on Revenge of the Nerds for its port. It's wait, 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 wait. <laughs> How the tables have turned, yeah. Connor. How the tables I'm have saying, turned. I, I'm fully Just saying. Just last episode. What was what it last was episode? It that you were rallying against. What? Oh, I don't like children's material having rape implications in it. Oh, you're right. And now look at you. But saying you want your Looney Tunes chock full of the old. No, rapists. but I don't. No, 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 no. Because what you, I'm saying you're, is, you want the main character of a children's cartoon to be a rapist. No, not you're at all. Flowering with words to make him. I'm going to wait like till you're rapist. done with this. And I'm going to defend myself heartily. Um, what I'm saying is that you couldn't. JD uh, Special Letters Unit Amato. Uh, you're the one who just fervently pitched your Spike TV pitch, whereas I was like, I cancel the meeting. Um, I think they're skillfully made. In a, in a, they're skillfully made rape cartoons. From the 50s, when things were different. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I, also think, I also think that they... So, but you're in support of the idea of rape cartoons. No, I think that when I was a kid, 
I thought those cartoons were funny. I still think they're funny, but I also think they're troubling and problematic. I actually don't think if I was running Boomerang, I don't think I, I think I would pull the Peppa the Pew cartoons out of circulation. I think they should only exist for you would rather animation do- scholars and collectors. I don't. They would not be part of a programming lineup that would I would... rather do that than do, like, whenever there's, like, a dog holding a gun to his head that they, like, just cut before that? Like, you wouldn't just, like, dub, o- dub in new lines where he goes, oh, okay, I, no, I respect your opinion. You can't, you can't edit the Peppa the Pew cartoons. They would, be, they would be incoherent if you edit out the main thing that happens, which is a... a an adult male skunk forcing himself on an unwilling house after, cat. After, after everything he did, he goes, by the way, I know this is wrong. Yeah. Um, I am a villain. He does. <laughs> um, no, I think this is fully consistent. If anything, I'm fully in favor of anyone who wants to edit the Wikipedia page for Pepper the Pew, much as we encourage people to edit the Wikipedia page for Revenge of the Nerds. Which we did very successfully. Somewhat successfully. I'm not, uh, I'm not sure where we've landed on that at the moment. There is a man on Wikipedia, one of the Wikipedia editors, who is gung-ho about making sure that you think that the deception, the act of deception that occurs in Rens the Nerds is portrayed as an act of seduction. It's like his life's mission. If that's how that guy seduces people, he's going to end up in prison. I can only hope that our justice system will end up with him in prison if that's his, that's his modus operandi. Um, no, but I think also like the modern cell where like we li- where Charles Schultz labeled Pretty Girl Season, like that really does like this this kunk is hunting women. Yeah. And it is the season for it. I mean, it's problematic. It is super problematic and there's no way around it. You can't edit the Pepe the Pew cartoon. Otherwise, it's just about a cat that paint falls on it and the cartoon <laughs> is over. Um, you know the original Pepe the Pew cartoon, the first one it is revealed at the end that he has a wife and children. So he's not only a sexual predator, he's an adulterer. Um, yeah. Thoughts, Matt Starr? Do you like those cartoons? Pepe Le Pew? Yeah. No, I never was crazy about Pepe Le Pew. Uh, do you like the Roadrunner cartoons? I do like the Roadrunner cartoons. I was always How about a- Peter Gonzalez? Speedy Gonzalez, I wasn't crazy about either. See, now, I, if I was running Boomerang and they were like, hey, uh, I would call them in about the Looney Tunes cartoons and I'd say, okay, here's the ones we're going to air. We're not, we're pulling the Pepe Le Pew cartoons, but I don't think I would pull the Speedy Gonzalez cartoons. Would you pull the racist, like, <laughs> Yeah. I would, only air those, like, I would only air those if I had a channel that was like an IFC-style channel for historically troubling films. <laughs> like buck-toothed buck Japanese people? Like, yeah, yeah I would not. I would not. If you had to name that station, what would you name? The his, this is a channel for historically You'd call it Boomerang. Boomerang. I watch Boomerang. Sometimes I watch Boomerang, which is all things that are... <laughs> that's the best name. I'm not going to top that name for a channel. I'd call that channel, ooh, blackface. <laughs> yeah. Um... <laughs> Yeah. The, it would just be E. Yeah. It was a different uh, Yeah. <laughs> Every cartoon would have to be introduced by a, a disclaimer. <laughs> You're watching Boomerang. These cartoons are a reflection of the era in which you would have to have it almost like a crawl at the bottom of the screen. Like, <laughs> we, know. We, know. we know. We know. We know. We know. <laughs> um, yeah. No, there was an interesting thing with Speedy Gonzalez, which is that um, for a number of years, I think – 
Turner owns most of the rights yeah. for those things. Mm-hmm. They pulled all the Speedy Gonzalez cartoons because they were like, oh, are these offensive? We don't know. And then there was an, a campaign. Yeah, by the, uh, was it the, I don't know what the official name was, but it was like the Mexican. Yeah, there were, there were, there were basically, yeah. there was like a Lat- uh, Latino campaign that was like, we want this character, this character is the hero of the cartoons. There's some mild satire of like Mexican culture, but not really that much more than Warner Brothers satire of like suburban American culture. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, I don't know what it's called, but and they were like, like the we, we want to be represented. Like all it is is like it is done from a, it's written from a white American point of view, but it's written affectionately and where he is the hero humiliating a gringo cat. Right. Right. Um, my favorite ones and the ones that I enjoyed at the exhibit was like reading the script of the rabbit season, duck season ones, and I liked the Roadrunner too because it is just all like physical gags too. Yeah. Uh, Michael Maltese was like Chuck Jones's head writer, and he's like anytime you see his name on a cartoon, it's a great cartoon. Yeah. Um, what I love about the Roadrunner cartoons is that I really love the fact that originally they were failed satire. That basically Chuck Jones was like he wanted to make fun of Chase cartoons, mm-hmm. right? And he ended up making like the definitive Chase cartoon. But that's the case of like a lot of things that try to become a parody of it, right? Yeah. I heard a weird noise. Uh, like Singing in the Rain, right? Right. A lot of people, like, that's their favorite musical, but that's a parody of musicals. Yeah. Uh, like, I suppose the most recent example would be, like, Wolf of Wall Street, right? Like, people from Wall Street have, like, adopted sure. Wolf of Wall Street and been like, it's fucking awesome. And it's like, no, this is supposed to be a cautionary tale. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, uh, yeah, I, I never really had a problem with, uh, the violence in Warner Brothers cartoons, um, even though sometimes it is pretty grim, particularly when characters pull out a realistic-looking uh, handgun and mm-hmm. blow their own brains out in response to a lot of things, and then they don't die. Um, that bothers me less for some weird reason. But it'd be funny, like, like there's no writers' room for children's programming right now. Where we'd ever be like, uh, and then he sees his girlfriend getting. Taken by another weird monster, so he pulls out a gun and shoots himself in the head. He blows his brains out. Yeah. But that's like that. That that's like a move in a Warner Brothers cartoon. It's like, oh, his girl's with someone else. Even droopy face, pull out a gun, (laughs) blow your own head out. It's also funny to think about that at the time when that gag was pitched. If you were in that writers' room and you're like, okay, so Porky Pig, uh, he's humiliated by Daffy Duck, and then the next shot is he gets into a bathtub and opens up his wrists. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, it's funny too because it's like a kid's cartoon. And it's like, yeah, he gets sad. So we see the dog take the gun, point at his own temple, blow his brains out. But the only thing left is his cigar. <laughs> it's like, you know, like that's like such like a. There's so many elements of that that would like if not. If you don't see the cigar, it's not comedy. Right. <laughs> yeah, you can reference a noose. You can reference nooses in yeah. those old cartoons as well. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. Lots of servants, butlers. Yeah. I'm trying to think, yeah, the because I was always like, <laughs> I like how you like forced Matt to yeah. talk by putting it. Towards yeah, him. he's been doing that. Shikana's been bullying me this whole interview. Like first he was just in real alpha. He's still in real alpha mode. You still got to figure out how you're gonna sweeten the pot for uh, <laughs> those t- people to tweet at you. Um, I do have to go. But where uh, are you going now? Oh, you got a UCB one. Yeah. 
meeting. What's the, want to give us a little tease of what's coming up from UCB1? Uh, from UCB1, uh, we might be taking a trip to our nation's capital. Ooh. Um, Which is? Oh, gosh. Uh, Washington, D.C. Um, you know, some places they pronounce it Washington. Do you ever do that? What are you doing, man? Regi- regional comedy. Um, the, uh, and I think we might be investigating the sexual histories of our nation's presidents. Oh. Or President's Day. Oh, so you're planning, you're, you're, even though it's like kind of topical sometimes, right? You guys do sometimes stuff that's a little bit topical, little right? Bit, yeah. But you got a long lead time on these pieces. We do, yeah. Uh, so it can't be ripped from the headlines. It's got to be stuff that's a little bit evergreen. Um, I mean, we can plan ahead a little bit, but yeah. What's, what's the, you got a, a game plan for Easter? Not yet. Easter's too far out still. So February's good. April's a bridge too far. That's right. You found the bridge too far. But it's too late to do any uh, Yuletide stuff, right? Yeah, no Yuletide stuff from us. Nothing dropping this month for the season? Nope. Well, nothing. I'm sure your listeners are really interested in the, in the intricacies of the UCB yeah. digital teams. Um, but yeah, I gotta go. Okay. Bye, Matt. Best of luck to you guys on the rest of your 12-hour day. Thanks for appearing on another episode. You're uh, one of the few people to be in more than one episode now. I love, I love it here. <laughs> Have you ever listened to an episode of this podcast? Never in my life. <laughs> Do you think you ever will? Yeah, I would. You would. I. Uh, that's different than I will. <laughs> yeah, I will. <laughs> I can all alpha man for me. This is the most alpha I've ever seen you. Um, <laughs> it's just I would like. I would do a lot of things if you put me in a, a circum. Like I could. That's an easy way to get out of just like. Yeah, if my life depended on it. Yeah, I would listen to your. Yeah, partner. would you walk on bread on your head? I would. I'm not going to. Yeah, I would. I got no. I got no hard plans. Yeah. Um, just go, man. Go make your. Right. Go uh, make you your see, web video. Uh, Connor, Connor stood up to try to bully me. Oh God, and it's working. Yes, I'll listen to it. Yes, I'll listen to the podcast. We don't need him. We don't need him. Do you ever read the Atlantic? Hmm. Do you ever read The Atlantic? No, man. No, I don't. Get out of here. Well, it's just you and me now, JD. You tired? I'm exhausted. We're we're staring at the... We're in the UCB Training Center Library, which is... uh, Nine shelves of books? Is that right? Yeah. Approximately nine shelves of books, some periodicals. We're on the side that has uh, comedian... uh, biographies, um, essays, memoirs, scripts, and screenplays, some fiction, funny fiction generally, things like Douglas Adams, Nick Hornby, things that are associated with comedy. Very funny. Do you, uh, does that sound super sarcastic, Jenny? No, I'm just being, I don't know. I'm just tired. Oh, it's a reappearance of our second most popular recurring character, Cranky J.D. Amato. <laughs> Thank you, JD. Um, uh, I don't know. What's wrong? I'm tired. I've, I, that's all. No, it is. it's something else. No, there's literally nothing else. I hope we didn't lose an hour. We might have. No, we didn't. Because on the way walking here, yeah. I listened on the headphones. I could hear us, which would not have happened. Could you hear us in the elevator? Uh, maybe. I don't think I had the headphones on. Okay. Well, we rode up an elevator to get here. We're at the UCB Training Center. 
We'll dress up in private time if need be. Yeah. Private time. Ba, 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 ba. Do you know that um, recently... Uh, recently... Hey, Doug. Good, how are you? We're recording our podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Come on over, Douglas. Um, this is our podcast 12-hour day. 12-hour day. Okay, cool. I have to go into back into a meeting, but... What meeting? Comedy is great, and it serves a purpose to relieve the, deten- uh, the tension of society's like pain and ills, so I don't know. Does that help at all? Yeah. I think comedy helps at all. Yeah, because it's like if we weren't laughing about a lot of the stuff that we laugh about, we'd be crying about it. What are you eating? It's a Nature Valley bar. It's sweet and salty. What's what? your what's your meeting that you're going to? It's a used to be one. We just saw the Matt Star. Will you do us a favor and send a message to Matt Star a couple minutes into the meeting? He's not in my group, but I can Facebook what? message him if you like. Oh, Wait, you're just competing. Used to be one groups. Uh, it's not used to be one. It's used to be mod night. Used to be mod night. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well. Well, this have has a been good really good meeting. for everybody involved. Yeah. I'll, I feel good about it. If you guys feel good, I, we, we feel good about it. Okay. Cool. I'll see you soon. Have you one, Doug? All right. Um, getting a tweet. Byron McCoy says, recording today? The answer is yes. But by the time you hear this, Byron, it'll be too late. Um, I was going to ask Doug whether his preference was more for the sweet or the salty. And that sweet and salty that he was eating, because I think everyone's got, they lean more toward one or the other, right? Yeah, that's probably right. Let me go over to talk to Murray. Hey, we're in the middle of uh, episode six of uh, 12 Hour Day. David Murray, here you go. Hello, how's it going? Hello, other fans of 12-Hour Day. You may remember me from another episode. I don't remember which one. I think David's been on the most episodes. Ha- um, have I been on the most? I know there was one where you guys talked to me when it was the first time you were here at the wonderful UCB Training Center. I've probably been around, at least, for other ones, right? Yeah. Now, let me ask this. Inform- uh, you're at the Information and Help Desk. Yes. Deep in the center, you're in the library help desk. Now, there's the front desk, which you're sometimes at. Sure. Do you have a preference? Do you prefer being at this desk or the front desk? Uh, they both have benefits. and List them. Sure. Uh, library desk, where I'm at right now, is more of a hangout. I like it a lot. Uh, people come, they just chill out. But at the front desk, you'll see more people. So, like, sometimes people just don't even come through the library. So they don't even know you're there. You get forgotten about yeah. The front desk, maybe they don't hang out as much, but they'll at least say hey. Yeah. Because they can't avoid you. Would you say it's analogous to the difference between short form and long form? Uh, I would say they're identical. Yeah, so the front desk is short form, the library desk is long form. Yeah, and not everybody understands the library desk, but everybody's familiar with the, the front desk. So now I notice you have a sign here up on the bookshelves, book, book and media shelves. It says information and help at this desk. And the. I understand why the sign's there, but it seems like it's 
almost comically high and away from where the de- like it's not like if there was a big sign that hung over the desk or something you would clearly be referring to this desk but i find it slight almost not really confusing but almost confusing that this is a shelf uh-huh. it's hanging from a shelf so it says information help at this desk and my initial reaction is a little bit like that's not a desk that's a shelf okay um, you thought when you thought when the sign was put up there, you thought the person who put up the sign was confused between what the work. No, I understand that that's the only place when I look around. Unless you do hang wires from the ceiling, right. there's no other good place where it's visible because you have what are you, these little seat islands that block view, so you need it there for, where people can see it. Do you think if I were a comedy writer at an ad firm or an advertising writer who specialized in mild comedy for an ad agency, uh-huh. and I was given the M&M's account, and I was, the joke I would think of would be that an M&M would, an M&M would say, uh, that's not a desk, that's a shelf. Is that, is that a funny joke? Um, I, honestly, I feel like that's the kind of joke George Carlin would have made, don't you think? He's always like, I'm not getting on the, on the plane, I'm getting in the plane. Right? <laughs> Wait, is David Murray saying that... <laughs> he just compared the, the M&M, M&M characters uh, the to Dave, the, the George, George Carlin's of, of advertising characters. I think I just made that comparison. The reference I was making, to is there's a current M&M's campaign that you'll see a lot of movie theaters when they air the commercials before the movie where it's a parody of a thriller and the first thing you'll see is a shot of an envelope being handed to a gloved hand. You don't know who the glove belongs to or who the hand it belongs to. And he says, this is your... Assign your next assignment, and then it reveals that it's a dumb M M&M and M sitting on the park bench next to this guy, this human, and he says, "Uh, no, this is a envelope." Okay, I think honestly, I think the version you did earlier about this sign, yeah, is funnier and better constructed, just like off the top of your head. I feel like it's a better joke, right? Don't I, just you don't have to just say that. Don't. Dun, 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 dun. Dun. He does exist. They do exist. <laughs> <laughs> That's the Santa Claus commercial, Big right? Laugh. <laughs> the biggest laugh we've ever gotten from someone during a podcast <laughs> was JD's rendition of the Eminem's classic <laughs> Christmas commercial. So big that the mic was actually far away, and it's still like probably allowed. It probably peaked out. So see, clearly, that commercial works. Do you like? Uh, that? Do you like that commercial? I think that commercial is. Not very good, but I really love JD. You like JD's parody of it, basically. Yeah. That was, was you a parody. That. that was a genuine. Yeah, yeah you, parody, you played though. it straight, but you did it with it, the sincerity oh, of it. Geez. Played like a spoof. That was a tribute. Yeah, it was that a take was a cover. It was a takedown. It was a cover. Are you pointing at the bartending school? Is that what that is? I think so. When we first moved in here, people thought it was like a secret bar, but I think it's a bartending school. How do we get into that bartending school to interview them? It sounds like Brenton's parentheses all over again. Um, do have you got a name for that bartending school? I got no, Wait, I have no idea. How is that a bartending school? Well, it's definitely a bar. Like, there's like really? a bar and stools. Of, a, of an office building. Can you do a Google search and figure out what this is? And then we'll email them from here and I'm, look over. That's like a classic Dave Murray on this podcast move, right? Google search and find a thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah when Connor was like, no, nah, let's not recap. They can go find the old, <laughs> they can go find the old episode. Right, so bartending school on we're on Eighth Avenue. But this is oh, street, right? This is one of the 
What street is this? It's either 36 or 37. 36. 36. I can see it's 36. Yo, chill out, guys. ABC Bartending School. Wait, but it won't be on 36, will it? No, between 35th and 36th Street. What floor? It's on the 8th floor. All right. One, two, three, so let's contact four, them and five, say, six, seven, we're over here recording a podcast. I don't think that's a bartending school, though, is it? I mean, we just came up. It'd be a real coincidence if there was a bartending school. No, but no, 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 no. no. I, what I'm saying is I think there is a bartending school over there, but I think the window that is there is something else. What do you think it is? I don't know. It looks like an office building. The worst location for a bar in the history of New York? Yeah, you got to check in at bar. security. Wait, does that look like a bar to you? You're looking yeah. at a different window than what we're looking at. What are you looking at? Uh, follow the line of my finger. That's my point. This one right there. Wait. The red? You can see the red red? Line? Yeah, that's what I'm looking at. That's not a bar. Oh, it is. Wait. No, it isn't. Oh, yes, it is. What is that? Bartending school. It's ABC <laughs> Bartending School. The, you, we've solved this mystery, and you're still like, but wait. Oh, um, bizarre. Do you think they would let us over there to talk to them? What do we want to talk to them about? Christmas. I think you're just trying. I think they're in the middle of a class. Yeah, can we audit their class? Ah, you're right. It's a big waste of time. Everyone Google ABC Bartending Schools. Tweet at them. Don't identify that it's from 12-hour day. Don't, <laughs> don't tag don't us do in it. We've reached, we've reached the... We have too many people tweeting at people now. Yeah, but what do we we've care? We've reached if, a peak where if we add people to tweet, too their, many people their, do it. What's their Twitter? I, this, I mean, looking at this website, I don't think they'll have a Twitter. You don't think? Contact us. Go on Twitter and search for ABC Bartending School. They're on Facebook. They're on Twitter right oh, there. Are, you're right. <laughs> what I'm more interested in is this rickety stairway here. Yeah, Google rickety stairway. <laughs> Okay, they signed up for Twitter. They did one tweet. Four years ago. And they've done one tweet and they have 60 followers. Did it go viral? The tweet is bartending classes packed with unlikely students. Video here. And it's justnews.com. Tweet at ABC. Uh, actually, it's just at bartending school. I kind of feel bad for all the bartending schools that would like to have an active Twitter presence. Um, Look at all these dance They've classes. taken at bartending school and they're not using it. And I'll say that tweet did not go viral. No, it's a tw- faves. no faves, no retweets, 60 followers. So I think it's safe since they're... Maybe it did go viral, but just no one faved or retweeted it. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they it was- only linked to it. <laughs> exactly. Well, um, it was embedded I think everywhere. Let's, let's really, let's bring it to them. Let's figure out what every one of these... At bartending is. school, what do you, th- what do you think? That's uh, school. What is a good tweet for them? Um, that's, a, that's a school of something. How about at bartending school, are you still on Twitter? Please retweet. Like, uh, I haven't heard from you in a while. Are you okay? Help. Just checking. Help. <laughs> yeah, tweet, help, help. Just checking. <laughs> Hashtag Twitter. Is that, a, is that okay, JD? I'm Hashtag, good asking. Hashtag Twitter. Hashtag on the rocks. Hashtag on the rocks. All right. So, JD, do you approve of that? See, you don't like it when I say I the tweet of things. Gives you your job. I sh- pro- should get this. The phone is ringing. Oh, I missed it. <laughs> let's, let's try and get the next That's, call. Okay, the that next was call. Lauren Michaels. Like, well, I'm gonna go to a show tonight. No, no, I'm not. I want to check out a book from the UCB library. Yeah. 
That would be a, a huge get for the library. Hey, Miss, <laughs> how many how many people have scheduled makeup classes since you've been on shift here today? Today, yeah, one person. One person. Did you do that? Yes. Interesting. Let's play a game we call Name Them and Shame Them. No, don't. <laughs> um, Can I ask a question, actually? Yeah, that's great. Okay. I, feel no, like, I think that'd be inappropriate. <laughs> well, I just feel like, because uh, I consider myself a fan of this show, and I don't okay. want to, like, change too much of it by being no. here, you know? No, I don't think you are. You can't help but change it. Oh, it's too late. Okay, uh, so, uh, uh, I, Connor, you're on a team. At this theater, yeah, called the Stepfathers. Yeah, I've been teching your shows recently. Oh yeah, uh, and it's been a lot of fun. But I also have no idea if I'm doing well or not. Can you tell me if I'm the worst? No, and I'll. Uh, uh, you're do- I think you're doing well. I can't speak for the whole team, but I will say this: that um, the generally, I think the way that you know whether or not you are doing well or not is if um, it'll almost only be that someone will come to you and have a conversation about the blackouts uh, at the end of the set. Has anyone come to you after any shows and been like, hey, uh, look for this or something? Nobody has given me any direction on blackouts. I've a couple times from various people been told, good blackout. So I feel good about I mean, that's about... That's like the... That's as good as you can get. I mean, because... uh, I don't think we've... I mean, they're... Oh, phone time. UCB Theater. He's taking a phone call now. Okay, what's the name on the reservation? Oh, he's asking for the name on the reservation. Okay, we'll go ahead and release that. Thanks for letting us know. Bye. Okay, a show. Dave just slammed the phone. Wait, a show. A show just uh, lost a thing, or a class just lost a thing. What happened? What show? What's the reservation? reservation? Uh, Who lost interest in what show? uh, You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? I won't say the person's name. But somebody called and canceled their reservation for Mod Night. Mod Night. Mod Night lost. What happened? In the well, it's probably it's the holiday season and people's schedules are erratic. No, maybe someone uh, pre-released some of the sketches and someone was not into it. Yeah, they do leak so, sketches. Sometimes. Someone leaked. Someone oh, leaked the leak. Someone leaked sketches. W- and the fans were not happy. I know that if you go to WikiLeaks now, it's mostly leaked sketches now. Yeah. Um. That's a real. That's a real bummer for Mod Night. It's on the decline. Oof. Oh no. Um, have, you, have you ever had a mass exodus of a show of like something the phone's off the hook of people canceling their reservations? Uh, yeah, we'll get nights where like people just for some reason everyone just like rainy nights if it's crappy weather right. people don't want to wait online outside. But we do all right. We do okay. Uh, the, to answer your question in more oh, detail, yeah. um, the stepfathers. Uh, there have been runs where we've had like a new tech or something like that where there'll be like growing pains for a little while. Um, usually the only two things that happen are um, sometimes we'll ha- we've had situations where we feel like we have another beat or two to go and there'll be a premature blackout. That's harder to correct for because you don't know that that's going to happen. Right. Sometimes there'll be a thing. Uh, I don't think it's happened too much recently. What was last week's show? Last week's show... The first half was um, there was heaven stuff happening, right? Yeah, I can I can t- uh, I remember a lot of this yeah. last show. I thought because I was like super excited about it, and I thought I did. I thought I gave good blackouts for it, which is almost why I'm bringing this up because I'm like, 
Yeah. Does anybody even notice if I do it well? Am I right that I did it well? Am I wrong? Yeah, I think the closest thing, I think there may have been an instance where we had a good blackout, but we also felt like, oh, we had like another move that we could have done. But that's almost impossible to... That would not be a situation where I think anyone would talk to you because... Are you saying that happened this past show? I think there might have been one extra beat that we had in the first half. Okay. But, again, I almost am reluctant to even mention that because that's the kind of thing that even us on stage, we might not know that. Sure. It might be one person has, like, an extra thought. Um, and the second half blackout was just right. I know that. The second half was the one that was... Uh, the pastor and the uh, the church full of uh, musicians yeah. that the pastor couldn't the priest couldn't pay the the church had been burgled and there's no money. A lot of tech in that one too. A lot of tech. A lot of tech. Good tech in that one. Um, and but like m- more often, actually, the problem tends to be that we when there's been a tech who is missing the blackout and those. Those are usually either someone just has a bad comedic instinct or they're not paying attention. And there have been a, there, a couple of years ago, there were a couple of, there was a run of shows where you, we'd have perfect, like triumphant blackout lines that wouldn't get a blackout. And then there'd be a blackout on a weird thing that clearly wasn't the blackout line. And in those cases, usually what would happen is Delaney would go and talk to whoever the tech was. And we wouldn't be privy to those conversations. It would just be like Delaney would have a philosophical conversation with the tech about here's what you need to look for or whatever. So I would say if I'm not aware of anything since you've been taking the shows and I think a similar thing like when Alex is text on occasion, like he knows – usually it, it, it is – I mean it's a high-pressure thing because it's basically like being an, being an unseen – improviser on the team who gets to make one move and it's either right or it's wrong. So that's a test that like I would be super, I'm never nervous for improv, but I'd be nervous doing blackouts. I'd be nervous if I was told Connor, you can do the stepfathers, but you have to stay on the back line the whole time. And we just want you to do one move at the 25 minute mark and it has to be great. And if it's not great, you'll hear about it. Um, That's basically what the blackout is. So I'd be like, my response to that would be like, thanks for having me on the team. I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> like, I would just be like, I would not want that pressure. I know that like um, I did a Turco-ish gig last year where it was part of a Beatles exhibit at Lincoln Center where they were doing the um, – what's uh, the name of the form? Again. Have I told this one? <laughs> no, no. Um, what's the form where it's like um, the edits are all with the music played, like a jukebox, so, like a – Soundtrack. That's what it is. Yeah, and I was the D- I was the DJ for that set, and it was a Be- it was all Beatles music, and I was asked to run the iPod for that basically, and the first thing was, Lincoln Center had the people. They had a nice little Beatles exhibit, and this was like, uh, it was going to be a Beatles soundtrack improv set where I would cue all the transitions with Beatles songs, and I would sometimes underscore a scene with a uh, a Beatles song that would be like on game with whatever was happening. And Lincoln Center's people, I thought quite adorably, gave me a uh, playlist that was like 50 Beatles songs. And I was like, oh, no, no. Thank you very much. But I have 500 Beatles songs on my... Uh, I've handled this part already. Uh, And 
there was an element of hubris on my part in the sense that I was like, no, no, I have them all in mono and stereo, and I've got some bootlegs, I have alternate mixes of this album and this album. You know, I was very much like, I got this. And then I was like, when the show started, I was like, oh, shit, I've got to sort through, like, even just frantically going through the iPod wheel trying to get through hundreds of songs to think of. They didn't want, like, the acoustic cover of some, I've got a mic. I held part. my mic. No, it's just out of habit because yeah. I've been holding the mic this whole right. time. And I held it as a JD. Connor's in interview mode. He's he, yeah. when he came over here, he was asking a lot of questions, uh, and he's been even miking me when I laugh. I've noticed for for a moment, I was like, "Oh, we should see if anyone's tweeted at the ABC Bar School yet," but they haven't because because we don't do this live. This episode is not live. I want to do a live one at some point. Great. Get the equipment. What do you mean? I'm not the equipment guy. I'm an ideas man, JD. No, I think I'm the ideas man and the equipment. No, I didn't say I'm the ideas You're man. You're the I voice. Said, I didn't say I'm the You're ideas the man. I said I'm an ideas man. Sure. You are also an ideas man, but you are also a technical genius. Don't try to shield <laughs> this. Um, I am admittedly, I don't even know how my phone works. I also like the fact that you did this Beatles thing. And you're like, no, 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 I've got 500 songs. And they're like, we really just want, like, the song Help to play and then you to do a song about, do a scene about helping people. Well, that's what I realized immediately was, like, it does no good for me to cue a sound. I, I, I realized mid-show, as soon as the show started, I was like, oh, it won't do any good for this audience if they've never heard of this Beatles song. Right, yeah. like, like, here's a thing that's, like, a rarely heard bootleg. Yeah, they want Blackbird. And then for you guys to go, oh, oh look at those birds. <laughs> Well, I ended up doing it's it. Nighttime, isn't it? I yes, ended it up. Is. I ended up. And scene. It was mostly just practically hard to scroll through that many songs, yeah. and hard also to think of them when you're watching an improv scene. I was really my proudest moment was uh, when there was a scene of two of a man and a woman who were parked in a car and they were awkwardly like. Clearly, like they were about to do something romantic, but they were both nervous about making the first move, and they were both sitting there. And I queued up the opening of "Why Don't We Do It in the Road," uh, and the timing of if you know how that track opens with the "Why Don't We Do It," and the the audience realizing during the drumming part what was coming, and both of the improvisers not saying anything meant that it was a nicely timed release when they everyone realized what what I was setting up. Yeah. But it's all, that's all, that but that was more nerve-wracking to me than doing improv. Yeah. Um, well cuz also with tech stuff like that no one's no I feel like nobody notices if you do it right. They'll just like the audience only notices like oh that was terrible. Right. Yeah. That was jarring. The worst improv set I've ever done in my life was a soundtrack. Where was it at? UCB Chelsea. Oh, this story again. <laughs> it was cage match. Creature. It was the last cage, ma- cage match I ever did was Creature. And you guys decided to do soundtrack for cage match? Yeah. Bold choice. Did you practice it? No. Nope. Well, no, we did, we, did, we did practice it. That was like sort of our Josh Patton, but that was our like, oh, we got 20 minutes left. Let's do a soundtrack. Yeah. We do that like every other practice or so. Did, was it going well in practice? Yeah, it would go really well. It would go fine. But man, did it fall on its face. What man, went wrong? Did it, oh, just everything. Who was running the soundtrack? Dan Chamberlain. Okay. Qualified. He did great. 
Super qualified. I would pick him. Um, the scene work suffered. Let's just say some people panicked. Oh, no. And soundtrack <laughs> is not a form that works well with panic. What is a form that works well with panic? I would say the soundtrack is particularly at the low end of the spectrum in terms of working with Amente? panic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, just, right, because in that first scene, anybody could just run yeah, and screaming can, with anything. You can panic and do anything, yeah. yeah. Or you can panic. But soundtrack is you need to, like, get into the groove of the scene and, like, yeah. keep it tonally. And people would just be like, bah, this. And then it was like, well, now you're screaming and we can't hear because there's a song going on. Yeah. And it doesn't make sense. And it just didn't happen. I remember that was one of the few times... I always I frequently have the feeling where it feels like everyone else has given up on a set, and I'm like, no, 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 no. We can pull this together. We can make this into something. And that was the thing where it was like, okay, there's something at a high school, and this, and that. And I was like, okay, there's a way to make this all connect where, okay, not like a connection island way, but like in a... Just trying to make it work, yeah. Like there's a way to make this all make sense. As yeah. if it was like, oh, these three disparate things were actually all about this one thing. And so I was like... I remember in the very end, like, there's this final scene, and I had, like, this idea where I was like, okay, okay, this, this, and this, okay, and I was, like, like, pointing to people, and then everyone's like, me, me, and I was just like, I had a point where I was just like, don't worry about it. Like, in my head, I was like, <laughs> I didn't say it out loud, but in my head, I was just like, don't worry about it. Let's just, let's just close this. It's like, in a, oh, that's so at sad. the end of an NBA game, when it's like, a team's down by, like, seven points, and there's, like, 20 seconds left. And then, like, there's sort of a moment where it's like, we could, like, try to foul and try to get some, like, miracle shots off and maybe win it. Or it's like, we could all just agree that, like, this is just out of our reach. And it always happens where it's like someone dribbles the ball up, takes, like, a deep three, misses it, and then someone grabs it. And then, like, they take, like, one too many dribbles. And then everyone is like, this is the game, this is the game. And then they sort of, like, let the clock run out. It was like that moment where I was like, I was like, okay, we can still, we can still, nope. Okay, that's the game. That's it. And I, we got 12 votes. It's rough. And what was funny is we were up against the curfew, I believe. And what hurt even more is that, like, I think that was that period of time where Creature was actually like, on a pretty good streak. I remember Distin coming up before our set. Because, like, there's people there watching, and he was, like, he, was like, he, was like, he was like, you guys got a shot. Like, they'd had, like, they did not have a good set. Like, you guys could take them down. Like, you guys could do it. And we were all like, Let's go out there and do it. And then it was the worst improv I've ever done. Like, to this point, to this day, if you ask anyone who saw that set, they will know that as some of the worst improv they've ever seen. Uh, like, they will remember that as, like, oh, that was some of the worst improv I ever saw. If you saw that set and you're listening to this now, I want you to tweet, I know it. I was there. Don't. Please don't do that. Hashtag don't do that. Twitter. Hashtag Tweet it at the ABC Bar School. <laughs> tweet it at the ABC Bar School. I know it. I was there. It would be great if at some point, like six months from now, the person who infrequently checks the Twitter sees, like, we've had a rash of activity. Like, people are tweeting at us Yeah, like and you'd see David be able to see that person. He'll watch it happen from right here. Um, but the only thing that made me, gave me a tiny bit of joy mm-hmm. from that disastrous set is basically that year, the two new heroes that were made were Creature and Deckard. And everyone come up to us on Creature and go, well, we know Deckard's going to be good. So we're interested to see what happens to Creature. And they'd say it in a way that was like really condescending and really like, you guys are a weird team. Deckard's going to be the good team. Uh-huh. Let's see what you guys do. And so there's always this like, God, this Deckard. And it's all like these like very attractive, 
you know, very uh, confident performers, and Creature was like a lot of weird, oddball people. Yeah. And that year in Cage Match, the only team that got less votes than Creature yeah. was Deckard. <laughs> Creature got 12 votes, I think. Deckard got 11. And uh, I was like, at least we beat Decker. Yeah, I mean, it's conceivable. Like twelve votes—that's a jury, you know. That could be—that could be a not guilty verdict, not guilty of bad improv. You're always trying to bring this into the present, huh? We you mean you're always just trying to make this topical. Well, I'm all just day, saying all day. Yeah, it's true. Um, I had a here's a the thing that won't appeal to very many people at all, but I just wanted to say it to you. And we're doing the podcast, so I'll forget if I do it later. But sure. Um, I had a move at the end of uh, the stepfather set last Friday that I was really proud of, but it didn't happen. We ended up with a good move anyway, which was right at the point where Finelli came in as Mr. Rogers. You're, uh, you, were you going to do your fat black grandma? No. <laughs> no. Save that for mod night. <clears throat> um, I do that on mod night. Yeah. Um, no, I was going to reference, because there was a... Uh, a heist that had happened and I was going to say that we had to do one last job. We got to rob the, the Juilliard bookstore because that was the other thing that the person that we, as Shannon had talked to, she was going to play at a church and then right. she was going to go back to her job at the Juilliard bookstore. And I was really, it was one of those moves where I was really proud, like this will be the blackout. And then he walked in as Mr. Rogers, which was a reference to the first half. I'm like, yeah. oh no, this is the blackout instead, and then it happened. Yeah, uh, it's always weird when that happens when you're doing improv, where you're like, oh, I know what the blackout will be, and you are about to make the move, and someone else does something, and you're like, oh, I just gotta like, that just goes in the, the garbage bin of my brain because like it's not, it's not a useful idea. I can't use that ever again. It's not a, it's only yeah. funny because it would have referenced the other thing that that person said. It's weird improv moves that you don't make for whatever reason you have to reconcile the part of your brain that's just like, that's just garbage. It's not, yeah. I, I can't really learn from it. I can't really do anything with it. It just didn't happen. Uh, Can I tell you also, if you had made that move, I feel like I would have missed that blackout. Oh, interesting. That's uh, the road not taken. Yeah. I feel like not, not because, uh, like, I think, because, yeah, like a, a connection to the first set, I feel like I'm on the lookout for as yeah. being a blackout, because that's like, huge move right but a yeah. callback to like a thing an audience member said I feel like I maybe I just hate audience members but I feel like I immediately forget everything they said as soon as they're yeah. gone and want to I'm like I don't, I don't care about that person but I think that's a thing about that's like a thing specific to me and not necessarily well yeah because my thing is I always have to I'm always trying to figure out what's the best way to like honor what they said right and I wish they would, you wish they would go away. Yes. You wish yeah. they were dead. Yes. That's what I was going to say. Um, no, to me, that was like, oh, the perfect bookend wraps everything up. Yeah. Uh, I think I would have said it in a tone that would have implied, like, you better turn these lights off now. Yes. Well, I will say... Uh, you would have done one of the, those. Yeah, he would have uh, made a gesture as if this were the end. I think uh, you're... Uh, I'm going to compliment you now. This might be weird. I think you're. I don't mind. Okay, you're. You're. Uh, I'm always. Uh, I rest a little easier when you're there at the stepfather's because I'm like, all right. Well, I know he'll do something that'll probably be a blackout. Interesting. Yeah. I sometimes feel on the uh, whenever I've done ASCAT, especially on a night when, like the other night, there was one where 
particularly the 930 show is pretty loaded with people. And I'll sometimes get to the point where I feel a little bit redundant where I'm like, I'm, I could leave right now. And it would uh-huh. maybe be even a little better because it's pretty crowded. That some, but the one thing that I've gotten a little bit better at, I think, through doing those is I won't be doing the things that are the most important things, but I've gotten pretty good at coming out with something that is like, oh, this can end this. Yes. Like I'll like everyone else will do what's really good and funny about the scene, but then I'll come in at the last minute and go like, "I forgot your keys" or something, and that will yeah. be like the thing. And that's a particular that f- makes me feel like you're part of like an Ocean's Eleven style team where I'm like, yeah. I'm the guy who can fold up and get inside the vault, but I'm not Danny Ocean. I've I not in a position to do it, but I've always wanted to do like a 600 or just create a team where everyone has a specific role and that is what they do. So it's like the same person's always going to initiate the first scene, same person's always going to initiate the group game, same uh, person's always going to be this. It's like you create like basically just like the Ocean's Eleven team of like, great, you're going to like, you got to be ready on whatever the tag out is. Like, it's just going to be like your job. Like, it's like a baseball team. Like, you're the... Just you're, runs like, you're the like a machine. Hitter, you're the first base. I would love to know what that is. Like, what my skill would be if yeah. I were on a team like that. I think it would be a... J.D. Amato's improv machine. Yeah. But I think... Because I think... There's something funny about improv where it's like... Uh, a positive of it is like, yeah, anything can happen, blah, 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 blah. But I think sometimes... It, People do... F- that that thing you're talking about doesn't happen in that regiment way, but it does happen where it's like... Right. Well, for example, like that... Like on like Jump on 3... Like my, I was I almost spotted stuff later. Like my role in jumping through is like always like I'm gonna I'll end the show. Yeah. I'll find the big thing that connects it all together and like there's it would be rare that someone would make the last move of jump on three show. Yeah. Or would make a or move you'll be or you'll you're a big thematic guy. Right. You'll find the theme of the show. Right. Like um in the at DCM this year, uh, Gethard couldn't be at the stepfather show, and we had. For the first, well, after having three years in a row of having like, uh, or was it two years in a row? Yeah, after like two years of really strong Stepfather's right. DCM shows, I was sort of braced for like, this one might be the one that we slip a little. And we did. And the reason that we slipped a little, like last year we had the, previous year we had the big reunion show. Right. And this year we had a less reunion show. We had fewer of the, returning people but we had enough that it was like a big crowded thing right and it was the next day I was like if Gethard was there he would have figured out he he would have been the one who figured out the way to make this mess of a show like here's what this is he would have figured out a way to label it contain it package it you know that's the kind of thing that he would his brain would go there and none of our brains went there and so it was like amusing stuff didn't add up to anything didn't feel like a whole unified thing so there are people who have that thing where it's like, I'm a closer or I'm a... Well, like, that, I mean, Jump on 3 did have that, like, Matt Starr would always start things out. He'd always get the suggestion, and he would almost always make the first... Yeah. Well, Phil would always initiate the first scene. Matt usually walk out. Yeah, we, we actually I, we sort of did have roles like yeah. that. Yeah. Do you remember how hard I would note Matt Starr when I coached you? Yeah. Is that bad? Should I not have done that? No. Um... You said it's. You responded so quickly as if it was like, yeah, we all remember you were a monster. Um, 
No, well, sometimes Matt needed to be noted. I, my, I remember because uh, you listening, Matt Star. I remember <laughs> that he's not. He's not. He won't listen. No. So I can say everything I want about him. I hope tweet at Matt Star that Connor Ratliff is talking about you at length at the uh, seven hour mark of the podcast. Is that true? All right. Do it. <laughs> you can still do it. You can still do it. Um, I remember specifically there was a, a scene where Matt had a problem where he would grin from ear to ear making initiations, and yeah. I'd be like, if you're going to do that, or he'd like laugh through it. I'm like, if you're going to do that, you need to be aware of it, and if you can't help it, you just need to make sure that your initiation includes that, because he, he, he walked into a scene, and he was like, the hospital burned down, but he was grinning from ear to ear, right. but he wasn't playing it like a guy who was... Like he was Right. Trying to initiate it as a real move, and I'm right. like, if you walk he on was, smiling, he was tickled by the move. He was tickled by the move, and I'm like, if you walk in grinning from ear to ear, and you say that the hospital burned down, the audience wants to know, they want to understand why you're happy about it. You need to acknowledge it, and it's okay if you can't help but laugh, but you need to know that you're always going to be playing a crazy person or yeah. a, mo- a monster because if you come in and you're just happy about it, you have to explain it. Because I don't think you can. I don't think you can. I have a thing. I had a reputation that was completely unearned for a, uh, uh, a little while as being someone who doesn't break during improv. Yeah. It was never earned. It was, it was, it was established by Kevin and Will Hines during a play-by-play after about a Herald night for a week. And they're like, Connor doesn't break in scenes. And I was like, I instantly broke when he said that. Yeah. And, but I have a thing that I can't help. It's involuntary where when I break on scenes, I put my hand to my face and cover my mouth. Yeah. It's, a, it's like a child's reaction to like the principle of object permanence. That, that right. It's like if I put my hand in front of my whole mouth, you can't no one it. will know yeah. that my laughter exists. Yeah. Uh, I think Neil Casey has a similar move. What is that? Uh, uh, if he's breaking or about to break, he like Chews on his his like fingernails and stuff in a scene, or like uh, uh, it's more graceful. <laughs> yeah, I also I think people like to see that though. Oh, they love it. Yeah, I don't. Well, I never feel bad about it because they do Geth, love it. That was Gether's big improv note to me back in the day before I met all that stuff. What? Do you remember that in parentheses? That was a uh, important moment in my uh, development, creative comedic groundwork. Is that one basically? One day, Gethard and I were on a bus. Uh, it was the first RV trip. Before parentheses, any of that stuff. And we'd faked that Gethard had had a meltdown after he was thrown off of a bus. So he and I had to walk along the highway in Waco, Texas. And we took a bus into Waco. And then we took a bus to Austin. And on the bus, that's when he decided he's going to teach parentheses because he was like, yeah, like, you jump on three guys. Like, like you guys are really, like... You got me motivated again to want to like teach and all this stuff. And he's like, I already have notes for all you guys. Like, and I already know the notes. And I was like, all right, hit me. What, what note do you have for me? And he was like, he was like, you're too, you're too intense. Like you intimidate people. Like you're too intense on stage in a way that's like good. But like also like people are intimidated playing around you. And like people look to you for like validation sometimes because like, they know that you have a high standard for things like that. And I was like, that's not true. Like, you just don't. You haven't seen me do improv enough to know that. And then one day, then, then parentheses all happened. And then one day in parentheses, 
where it was like the end of class. It's all sitting there. And at that point, like, almost everyone in Princeton was like on Herald Night, except for the Jump on Three gang. And it was all people that I greatly respected and whatnot. And then I was like, all right. Oh, real quick before we go. Um, just can you raise your hand if you've ever, if you feel intimidated by JD on stage or ever have felt intimidated by him? And every, everyone put their hand up. Except for Matt Starr. That was always the thing that was so funny. It's Gethard was like, of course Matt Starr didn't put his hand up. So he was like, oh, no. And then he goes, he looks at me and just sort of smiles. And he goes, okay, thanks, guys. See, see you next week. And I just like sat there as like everyone walked out. And I was like, you jerk. But then he was like, you, get, you have to learn to break on stages like that. Because otherwise it's just. Oh, the audience, the, the audience doesn't see that you're having fun, even though you are having like fun. Like how like Dexter, the serial killer, has to pretend to have human emotions. <laughs> so you learn, you learn to laugh in front of people? Yeah. And, you know, it's the same thing, like, you know, uh, when other people are crying, like, I'll just realize that I have to do that, too. Okay. Like, it makes people think that I'm yeah. feeling whatever that thing is that they're do, feeling. Uh, on a related point, J.D., do you need me to, do you need an oil can? Do you need me to uh, oil your gears? See, you say that, but that's a, we talked about this last episode. That's often been a criticism of me. That you're a robot? I don't think it's a criticism. I think... You're the, probably the most amazing piece of tech I've ever <laughs> met. Can I also say, um, you said, like, I need to cry also to show that I'm feeling whatever the thing is they're feeling. It's called sadness. JD. Yeah, sadness. yeah, no, I, I, know, I, I know those, emo- those uh, emotions. Yeah, I feel them. <laughs> Let I, me feel ask the, this. I feel the one that we're all having right now, right? Which is, uh, say it. Let me ask this though, because I I am genuinely intrigued by the notion of learning to break on stage. How does how because that feels like an unnatural thing to learn. Have you broken on stage? Yes, and now I'm not good at not breaking. So because there was a period of time where I would, yeah, I wouldn't break. I'm trying to think if I've seen you break on stage. Have I? Probably have. I have a bad memory for stuff like that. Yeah, probably. Uh. The team that I break on stage the most with was Swag. Yeah. Because that was like all of my closest friends doing improv. And it was... Because the thing that was... Make, it's easy the to thing, break. The thing like, that makes me break. Phil, right? Because that's me, Phil, Sean Diston, Alexis Pereira, yeah. Jackie Jennings. Alexis doesn't break very easily. Does he? No. But we would all break on that because it, that was a team where it was like... It was not like, oh, let's build this thing together. It was like... Oh, you made a foundation? Well, I'm going to make the first room floating like 10 stories in the air. And like, you better make the next floor somewhere else. I'm like, great, I'll catch this over here. And you'd be like, why? No one's... It'd be like left field stuff. Yeah. Like, I remember one of the things, one of my favorite, it just epitomized swag, is that Phil and Sean would always... My whole thing is like, listen, I'll go anywhere you want to go. Like, I'm not going to back down to try to... Yeah. And so they would always bait me into being a racist character that would say the N-word. Yeah. <laughs> and one of the times they did that to me was Cypher Sounds had his hip-hop improv show. And he did this first, his first big one was at Union Hall in Brooklyn in the basement. And the guest was Talib Kweli. And the audience was not an improv audience. It was all a hip-hop audience. Yeah. And we had just come off of I guess you could call it like a monologue. So it was like also right when Sypha was sort of starting to get it. So he wasn't great at explaining stuff to everyone. So the suggestion was like, what was it? Like, oh, marshmallows. 
and Talib Kweli's uh, quote-unquote monologue to, to inspire improv was, man, I've seen Ghostbusters. That movie's real funny. Like, that's a real funny movie. I really like it. Dan Aykroyd's character is like crazy in it. Okay. And then he <laughs> sat down, and that was it. Yeah. And then Sean and Phil walk out. They look at each other. And, you know, like, Phil, the way he'll do improv is he'll come out and just, like, take on a persona, like, uh, an attitude before he makes any move. And that attitude is often just him hunched over, intense, like, staring at you. And it's like, that's almost, and he did that. Then he sort of, Sean sort of matched them. They both doubt that's opposite them. They looked at each other and just sort of smiled. Phil went, say it again. What did you just call us? And then Sean's like, yeah, master, what'd you just call us? And like, they start, and they're like, like say it again. And Phil gets on and just, say it again. You said it once, say it again. Like, in my face, just yeah. like, you're not going to say that in front of this audience. What'd you say? So I, I, <laughs> went on stage, I'm just like, fine, we go there, let's go there. So then he just, they kept doing it and like, it built up enough energy that then it got like a big rush and went, I called you a bunch. <laughs> I just said yeah. it. And I went, it got a big reaction. It was funny, but it was like, I was scary. like, fine. That's scary. Oh, uh, it's, I don't think it's that scary in the sense that it's like, well, it's not like I'm like, they were forcing me to say it. Yeah. And it's like, I'm not going to, I think I'm scared of a word. Yeah. It's, I feel like it's, it's in bad taste if I was like, oh, here's a funny idea. Yeah. I'm going to say this word. It's an interesting thing. But it's uh, like, I don't know, if you're making, if, if you're going to, you're going to dare me to say a word, I'll say, I'll say whatever word. Uh, it's an interesting thing though, when you, anytime you make a move on stage that I'll occasionally do something that I get boos or groans from the audience about and it doesn't feel that bad. No. It doesn't really. No, um, I mean, yeah. If, if, as long as you That's know, most of what I like. Especially if you know why you did it, it's usually pretty easy to be comfortable with it and be like, all right, well, <laughs> maybe, yeah. you'll like, maybe you'll like the next thing better. <laughs> yeah, uh. God. Oh, but Alexis Pereira, he's another guy who, who makes me break almost every time because he just makes these decisions that are so out there. Yeah. He's sort of like Terry. We were just talking about how Terry Withers is like that, where it's like, Alex and Terry are two guys of the same cloth where it's like, if you present, you know, evidence A, B, and C for people to examine, I guess it's, I'm saying this now, and we literally present Terry with evidence, but like if you present facts to them, 99% of the people in the world are going to see these facts and say, great, here's what this means. Those two are people that they'll look at it and just be sure that what that meant was completely, something completely different. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and it'll like make sense right. after the fact, but it's not something most people would ever be like, oh, of course, this. Right. Like there was a moment in a Convergence 600 where I died very early in a set. And I was on the ground dying. And someone was like, said something like, does he have one final word or not? And I'm like, Ugh, like that. And then Alex went, oh, his soul's escaping. And then pushed it back into my mouth, and he goes, oh, he should be okay now. And it was, like, such a weird, like, no, everyone knew that that was, like, my death noise. But to Alexis, it was like, oh, no, that's the sound that makes when a soul escapes, and you just push it back into the mouth. And I was just like, oh, Alexis, what are you, Connor's looking over 
at David's computer with curiosity. I just wasn't sure what was happening on it. But you seem to have figured it out. Yeah. I thought maybe you had a little message that popped up, but it's just a, it's just a, um, tasks, right? Yes. Things you have to do. These are things you have to do. One of them is, is that the first thing says bitch slap. Yeah. Uh, that's the name of a web series I'm directing. Okay, so it's not like a, one of the things that is the no, when you when you work at the uh, library desk help no. desk. No, these are all important dates. This is I keep my calendar in there. Uh, uh, so I that's tomorrow, Tuesday, December 9th, noon to one. Yeah, uh, we have a writers' meeting for that. Gotcha. Yeah. Um. Sorry, I didn't mean to derail that, but I just got so oh. distracted. JD's gone over to check our uh, his phone or our power. Your phone. Um, I hope I put your mind at ease regarding the attacking. Uh, yeah. Well, I think, uh, like, after Friday's show, I felt good about it because I felt like I... Because that was the, the blackout for the second set, I thought was, like, I nailed it. But it was yeah. also, to me, felt like a risky blackout because it was kind of early. Was it? Yes. Nah, it felt like the right time. Well, I think watching the show, it was like, oh, of course this is the, the time to black it out. But uh, if you just look at how much time had passed... How long was the set? That was like 23 minutes. I think that's fine. I think once you get over 20, I think it's fine, right? I think you're in the, the realm. Uh, the rule of thumb I've been given is don't even start looking till 25, 26 minutes. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, then you were wrong. You're dead wrong. <laughs> Yep, I did not follow that rule at all. Um, I have no sense of time when I'm on stage. I have no sense of time. Uh, I, I never know how much time has passed. I, I'll keep going. You have told me... You're one of the people who has said good blackout to me at right. some point. Yes, since I've started. Good, I'm glad. And I appreciate that. That's why I felt like I could maybe ask you about it. Because also, I don't know... If it's like, if I asked certain people, if they'd be like, I can't believe you don't know this already, or like, somebody should have told you this. But I also think blackouts, it's like a thing, you just know, right? Yeah, it's a, I mean, the thing is, if you wait for half a second, someone else will start talking and you've missed that blackout. Um, I mean, it's usually, I would imagine the easiest ones are when a huge thing happens and it gets a big audience reaction that stops everything. And if it's the right kind of moment, then you can take that cue. But also, sometimes if something like that happens, um, you also that could lead to a feeling of like, oh, maybe this is just leading towards better stuff. You know, right. like, or like how does that affect? How does that change things? Yeah. Especially in like mono scenes where like a big thing happens, and then like, okay, well, that's maybe that's the end, or maybe that's a big thing that we see how everything else. Let me ask you this, because here at the UCB Training Center, we have this library that's got lots of different books. On this side, we've got comedy lore, which is like history of shows and theaters and such, practical writing books, improv how-tos, acting how-tos, media studies, um, work and creative process, etc. What's the most popular book here in the, in the, in the TC? Uh... The UCB book is always checked out. How many manuals are available to check out? It's available for sale. Sure. And obviously they love that. Right. But 
the, is there one copy available for checkout or multiple copies for checkout? We have multiple copies. But they really do encourage students to buy it. It's good to have your own. I know if I, I own a copy of it, I haven't read it because it came out once I was already an old dog right, once you'd already put out to pasture. You're a master of um, it the, looks best, like, the best art is taught in books. <laughs> JD, that's, that's a controversial statement. Um, now, JD, when we were in classes, did you read Truth and Comedy? Uh, I read like the first 40 pages. Oh, JD like, can't read. <laughs> kind of very I, defensive of books. Well, of, I love this. this of just started now. Like, JD was over in the corner, and then he just came over, and I feel like there's this like conflict going on now. It's like this big. I felt like that was an antagonistic move. It was. Not on Connor, though. But I brought up a book topic. I've just become jaded by the institution of <laughs> improv comedy. Well, here's the thing. I, I, when I was taking classes here, I read Truth and Comedy. And I thought, oh, this book has some interesting things in it. But I thought it was a very poorly made book. Like, even – there's a thing about books in the modern age, which is that the phrase, don't judge a book by its cover, which is a useful phrase for how to treat – like, the, the – the, the phrase usually is meant to – the lesson of it is don't judge people before you get to know them. That's what it's used for. But the phrase dates back from if you look what, at what book binding was like in the 1800s or earlier, every book just looked at – it had a generic cover. There was, no, there was no cover art on a lot of books. So a book was just a bound thing and you couldn't judge a book by its cover because a novel or a science text or whatever, right. they all looked the same. It was just cloth bound or leather bound or whatever. Nowadays you can judge a book by its cover. Yeah. Yes. As a matter of fact, you... Or it's a better phrase for like a symbolic meaning than its literal meaning. It doesn't right. make any sense now because the art of book design in a chip kid universe uh, is... Maybe you should judge a book by its cover. These covers have they've put a lot of thought into them, and most books look like what they are. If you want to read a book that is a uh, like part of a genre, you know, uh, gritty police procedurals have a certain look. Horror novels have a certain look to the cover. Uh, hard sci-fi versus fantasy, there are like. Sometimes very there's, rigid styles for those things. There's my promise to you. If your book has, has hand-drawn cartoon characters in the cover doing something, I'm not going to read it. And it's not itself a comic book. Um, what if it's a self-help book? No, that's exactly what I'm talking about. And it's like, how to have fun with drawings. <laughs> but there's no... The rules, there can't be any... There's no drawings inside it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a tome about how to have fun with drawing. Um, you know who that would be good for? Who? Data. <laughs> yeah. Um, what are drawings? Um, what is fun? The, but generally speaking, now you can judge a book by its cover. And if you look at the cover, do you have a copy of Truth and Comedy here? It's probably checked out. Checked out? What kind of shitty library are you running? Where people check out books. Well, like, this, is an, this is a classic example of don't judge a book by its cover. That, this book that listeners See, and readers can't... Here's the thing, though, is I would judge that well. Why? I'm attracted to books that have that old quality to them. But if you didn't know what, the, if you didn't know what that book was, 
Right. You couldn't judge it by its cover. You I can judge it spine. by its spine. <laughs> yeah, but no one ever said don't judge it by its spine. That's not a phrase. But like I would this, I would judge it by its cover and not want to read it. Well, that's a book for children, grades K through eight. <laughs> so, of course, as a grown adult, so you would I'd read that. Right. So but I'd be right. But I bet, yeah. But it's also a bit. So you're saying you I'm did right. Judge, I'm saying you're right to judge it by its cover. The cover of. I would judge this book by its cover. Yeah. I don't. I, my guess is I'm not going to learn anything too well, uh, inspiring about acting from the idiot's guide to acting. Now, what about this? This is maybe the best book about acting there is. What do you think of this one? It's not a well-designed cover. <laughs> no. But it's got a picture of Michael Caine on it. It's, in fact, maybe such a bad cover that I would then guess that it must be a really great book. Well, counterintuitive. That's like how you drive in an ice storm. Or do you ice in a dry storm? No one knows. Um, How come you you drive in an ice storm, but you ice in a drive storm? Boom, chum, 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 boom, boom. Um, <laughs> no, but generally speaking, the cover for Truth in Comedy lets you know that it's kind of not a, a very well put together book. There are some true things in it. There are some interesting things in it. Yeah, there's some true stories about Chris Farley. Yeah, just some helpful tips. Um, same with Art by Committee. The follow-up book that almost no one read? Yeah. That comes with a free DVD? Well, not a free. You pay for it and get the book. <laughs> but it comes with a DVD. I also have read most of those. Or at least enough of it to get the get in the swing it. of it. Yeah. And I was never like, oh, yeah. This will help. Have you looked through the UCB one at all? No. Um, it's too late for both of us, right? Yeah. But you're also... You're also jaded at this point where you're like, yeah. don't give me that book. Yeah, I don't need it. Um, but I, I, I will say this. I think you can learn more. Or this is my experience. I think you can learn more from a book so about... So long, Kurt. Hey, Kurt, Kurt you, I feel like you've sat here listening. We need you at least to say a word on the 12-hour day. I'm sorry, what? I feel like you've been sitting here yeah. aptly listening yes. and reacting. A little bit. But now you need to make your imprint on the podcast. Oh. What are your thoughts about what you've heard? Oh, there's so many thoughts. I mean, I laughed a lot in the background, so I thought, wow, this is very, very funny. Um, I thought that it was interesting that you found so immediately the bartending school across the way. And JD's inability to believe that it was a bartending school was very funny. In spite of, I mean, a factual Google search, I thought he would... Listen, I'm the kind of I'm the kind of guy that needs to see it for himself. But you're what he's responding to. I don't trust goofers and gallon over here. No, he's referring to me and and David. And all we were were two. (laughs) All we were for those who weren't clear, I was referring to Connor and David as goofus and gallon. Connor's more of the goofus. Okay. Well, here's the thing that was funny that is correctly been identified. What was funny is how your skepticism grew more intense once we confirmed that there was a bartending school in that building. I think the more facts are to support something, the more skeptical you have to be of it. That's not... That's like the opposite of how facts should work. Well... That's, that's, that's an unusual viewpoint to take. Okay, Kurt. Well, we'll see what happens when uh, they the take... More, when the they take I you away in the uh, Soylent Green truck, we'll see who's left standing to figure out its people versus it's a healthy snack for... Uh, Citizens of the world. Yeah, I should. I feel like I. I was planning on leaving. I should leave now, just so <laughs> people can think that that's what happened to me. Is that I got taken away in the soil. Am I truck. being antagonistic now? 
Yes. <laughs> a little. But it's, it's, it's not, that's not the reason I'm, I'm departing. I have. Oh, what's the reason you're departing? Yeah, what do you... I'm, I'm going to go home and see my wife and interact with her. I've, I've, <laughs> to just put plainly, I came here to interact with Dave Murray just a little bit. I guess we could say that we were having a friendly chat. And then... Did we ruin it? No, no, not at all. No, we it did. It sounds very no, much sounds like, like we ruined it. I came here for one wait, reason, and I... Wait, I proposed something. Yeah? Do you, do you want to have a moment where you talk... Will you and Dave Murray have a moment to yourselves? Say all the things that you wanted to say? <laughs> we, could, we could do that. All right, JD uh, and I are leaving. We'll take a walk. <laughs> oh, boy. We're going to do one round around this the is... training center. So you know how much that will take. We're going to be leisure. Yeah. Got it. Great. So uh, what, what, do you want to talk about what we were talking about earlier? Uh, sure. What, what, what was the last thing we were talking about? Oh, there are so many things that it's tough to remember what the last one was. Uh, you were very into, into Jiro Dreams of Sushi. Yes. Uh, uh, I think... Uh, I don't know. Do you listen to the podcast that we are now? No, the, podca- the podcast that I'm now a part of. Yeah, that I, we're hosting right now. I don't think I. I think I saw a tweet earlier about it from Connor. Uh-huh. Um, but then I for have forgot about it. Well, uh, they talk about uh, movies a lot on it, so I think people would actually listeners would enjoy talk of Jiro Dreams of Sushi. Well, the two interesting parts about that were that I learned how to pronounce Jiro because I thought it was Hero. And then yep. you said that that wasn't right for that Correct. culture. Yes, it's um, pronounced Jiro. Okay, yes, that is what I learned. And the second thing that I learned uh, was that you think that it's a uniquely Japanese thing to get so involved in something so small as sushi. Right. I do... Uh, we talked nothing about the movie itself. Right. We, we, I, we mentioned the movie, and then immediately I talked about what I thought it meant in the greater context of like Japanese culture. Yes. I do think that it's true, though, that it's a very Japanese thing to be that, like, intensely focused on, like, a very specific and maybe not, like, flashy or, like, sexy career. I think right. that's true. And I didn't think that that was a part of Japanese culture. Well, you're wrong. Well, All right. Possible. <laughs> that's true. And that ends this segment of the podcast. And now uh, we're joined by Ben Rameka. Uh, from uh, Amazon Prime's Alpha House. Hey, Ben. Welcome to 12 Hour Day with J.D. and Connor. Hey, Connor. Hey, J.D. Thanks for having me. Hello, Ben. How are you? Now, I proposed something. Uh, you were a guest on the Georgia News Talk Show the other night. I proposed something that I want to also expand to this podcast, which is uh, we don't know yet whether Alpha, Alpha House has had two seasons uh, on uh, – what, what just happened there, Ben? What did you – I haven't worn this sweater in a year. And you smelled it. You sniffed it your armpit. I think it smells bad. <laughs> There's a very uh, blatant uh, check shirt. going on. shirt underneath. That could well, be it, too. I, I assume that you could, you could check your own body odor on a podcast and no one would know unless someone comments, which you just did. Yeah. yeah, but this is a 12-hour podcast and we need to fill that content so we don't let anything – That was a big moment for us. Well, then you're welcome. Yeah, some see we've just we've, we've I don't think you, I don't think you we've I don't a good any, minute about I, this. I don't I have a poor olfactory sense, so I might not know, but I don't think you smell bad from what I can tell. Remember when we went to Torco and you had that clogged ear for like three and a half months? Yeah, that was I. I had an ear infection, and I thought I foolishly I hadn't done any research. I didn't know how they worked. I remember that I, you decided to take the plane flight because you yes. thought it would t- somehow fix it, yes. as we opposed on, to doing the opposite, we were on the which plane, is much worse. When we were on the plane, I was saying, "I think it's fixing it. I think it's fixing it." And then we got off the plane, and I realized I can't hear anymore. Yes, I remember. You were miserable. I felt so bad. I couldn't hear you. anything. The whole. Do you remember when we went to that party and that uh, I didn't want to go, and I just. 
the first thing I did was there was a chair, and I'm like, I'm sitting in that chair. And I just sat in the, in the chair while you all played beer pong yeah. with college students. Don Finelli and I. Anyway, I, yes, Amazon okay. Prime. Amazon Prime. Now, here, we don't know whether or not, we don't know whether or not Alpha House is getting a third season yet. We haven't heard news about it. <laughs> That's right. And so I had an idea for what I think is a successful viral marketing campaign, which is that anyone out there who orders something from Amazon, you have an option to put a comment on the package, uh, you know, like a message. Sure. That it's a free option, and anything you send, we want people to use the comment to say, "Hey, Amazon, I sure hope Alpha House gets a third season." But yeah. there, but there's no human to interact with packages at Amazon anymore. It's all robots. Yeah. Yeah, but I still think this will catch on <laughs> because people will be getting or receiving packages. It'll drive people to. No, watch you know what it? it is? I bet there's things that are too big for the robots to deal with. So order big, long, order a mop, order a mop, and, and say and say. Let's mop up some of these loose story threads that are left hanging <laughs> yeah. in a third and fourth yeah. season. I don't think the people that have like the creative control at Amazon are necessarily in these warehouses. No, they're on the floor. Right? They are? Yeah. That's Bezos is down there? Yeah, it's his day-to-day. Taping it up? Yeah. I think this is a can- – it's, it's a space where no activism, no internet activism is occurring, is yeah. in the blank comments uh, of Amazon package deliveries. And I really think this is where – because that's what you got to do. It's just like with – you know, like things that comic books in the 50s uh, – Kids bought them and then their parents threw them out because they were garbage, and then they became rare, expensive collector's items. Then the next generation bagged and collected every first issue, and it's worthless. It won't be worth anything until their children throw those things out someday. You got to look for where people aren't checking. Right now, no one's using those comment boxes. No on one's the using the top of garbage right now. Okay, I got it. Yeah, I got it. So what? What else? Eating. I'll start. Here, here's my here's my last Alpha House question. Did yeah. you ever wear a leather jacket in Alpha House? I never wore a leather jacket in Alpha okay. House. Uh, because JD was given a leather jacket from the costume. Oh, Michael. Yeah. Yeah, it was not my leather jacket. Yeah, I had very specific stone-colored suits. Yeah. Yeah, Ben either wore a suit or nothing at all. Yeah, my yeah. bum. He saw my bum in it. There and we that's, go. He confirmed to me that there's a long sequence, a, a sex sequence... Featuring full rear nudity. Ben. Uh, it's very funny. And he confirmed to me that there's no digital enhancement. No CGI enhancement. Are we keeping you for a class also? Oh, I, it's, it's my break, so i okay. got to head back. But, you know, a bunch of teachers are taking break right now. And I spy Sean Distant over there. Who okay, to be on we just break. talked about Sean a few minutes yeah, ago. Yeah, the George Lucas show. So we're going to... But it was a pleasure. Good luck with the podcast, Connor, JD. Ben, good to see I'll you. see you in the interwebs. Absolutely. And I will pass that along to Jeff Bezos and Amazon.com. Yeah. Okay. And... And, and our viewers and, will pass it on to their packages. And yeah. follow Ben Ramika on Twitter, everyone. Sure. And, and tweet at him and say, this is because of the podcast. Tweet right. at him and say, this is because of the podcast. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, go ahead. Tweet at <laughs> Ben what's, what's, your, what's your Twitter? Oh, it's at, at Ben Ramika. So tweet at, at Ben Ramika. And that's R-A-M-E-A-K-A. <laughs> and that's how you And Ben is exactly how you think it is. And say, Sean this is because of the podcast. Hashtag Alpha Hello. House. Hello, guys. Thank you. Don't forget to tweet at Ben Rameka about Alpha House, whatever it was. Just I, just, I just retold the story of, you remember when you and Phil made me say the N-word several times in swag? I don't remember that story specifically because I feel like we tried to do it multiple times. Yes. Um, but yeah, we did. Was that the one where you ran out of the show very early after the oh, first no. scene? Oh, no. That was a different show. This was, the, this was the Cypher Sound show. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Well... I, that was a story. We I just recounted people, that story. I force people into saying the N-word all the time. That's my, that's my goal. Is that really your goal? No, not really. Uh, my roommate Rudy, I do get to say the N-word a lot. Uh, we're, also, we're also joined here by Rita. 
Hello. Hi, Rita. How are you? I'm all right. Rita, uh, we're going to go see a movie soon, aren't we? Yeah, we're going to go see, uh, hopefully, Birdman or, or Whiplash. Yeah, I, I want to see either of those. Both, I want to see Whiplash. You've seen Birdman, though. I have, but it's very good, so I would see it again. That's how good it was. Now, in the UK, where you're from, uh, a Birdman, uh, bird is often a, a, a phrase uh, for, you could be flipping the bird, or like... Um, pretty girl. Pretty girl, or just a girl. Like, yeah. hey, now, is that mostly a northern phrase, or is it everywhere? I think it's everywhere. I don't know where it originally Hey, is, she's me bed. She's me bird. Yeah, fancy a bird. Fancy a bird. Yeah. yeah. No, it's a great bird. Yeah. yeah. Nice. What are you guys doing? You're just doing a podcast, doing doing nonstop podcast. Uh, twelve hour day, which is our twelve hour long podcast. Yeah. Well, there you go. So you've just been here for twelve hours. What hours? No, we've been walking around. We went to Macy's. No we shit. almost saw Santa. It's very cold to go. We met. We met Zachary. All right. Tried to salsa bed. Yeah, we went to the bed store on the top floor of Macy's. And then a very nice and helpful customer service guy started talking to us about beds. And I don't, he didn't know he was being recorded, but he, he talked about how certain kinds of mattresses, this is his phrasing, I thought this was real classy. He said that like whether you had a foam mattress or like one that had like springs, springs and things in yeah. it, that certain kinds of mattresses were well, better pe- for well, no, non-sleep related activities. That oh, was yeah, his you phrase. Fuck on a non-spring bed. Yeah. No, he was saying that people don't like foam beds because like non-sleep related because they don't sort of push back. Mm. So for okay, non-sleep related activities, some people don't find them as. So comfortable. You don't like the pushback of the of the, yeah, the spring. You want to you want to be you want two participants, not two and a half. You don't want that. Don't you don't want that give. third that third wheel in the. I need less pushback. I need stability. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, then Zachary has a bed to offer you. <laughs> it's funny, you know, because there's a lot of songs having to do with sex, but none of them address which kind of mattress is better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you know every mattress these days has Bluetooth? Bluetooth? What? Not every mattress, but a all the, all the new Bluetooth. ones being made it have Bluetooth. Fast. Yeah. Like they know. Music? No, they like know. TV yeah. has Bluetooth. They wake you up with massages. No. What? I wish I had asked about smart foam. <laughs> I see what That's you guys good. are doing. I saw it. Yeah, I did. No, no, this is not a bit. They look, kind of do they not have Bluetooth wireless capabilities, and they wake you up with massages yeah. in That's the morning. Scary. Yeah, I don't know that I need that much uh, concentration in my bed. You tell it what time you want to wake up, and it says, "Great, I'll wake up with a massage feel- and play you your favorite music." I no. feel like Bluetooth is that kind of like. Do you want Bluetooth surrounding you during your like? Feels bad. I, I don't know. I feel like that's like a cancer thing. Yeah, that happen. is exactly like fifty years from now. Like, yeah, Bluetooth, <laughs> Bluetooth was just is killing people. That yeah. was just. They actually found that Bluetooth and cancer are the same exact. <laughs> yeah. They're made of the exact same thing. Well, it was yeah, like when actually- they. It was. It was like when they did all oh, with the lead paint, and it was like. It was like, oh well, oh it makes the brightest colors. Let's cover mm-hmm. our plates, our yeah, walls with the lead paint. Place. Feed it to our children. Yeah, it. Uh, hey, it feels very much like when they didn't know what was in mobile phones that was causing cancer. They're like, no, 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 no. Phones are great, and they were like, no, you got to stop. You got to get off the phone. You got to get on Bluetooth. No one has done extensive research on what Bluetooth is or does outside of the fact that it gives you capabilities to talk to multiple devices. Matt Starr is back and he's got a bag of trash. What's in the trash? It looks Matt? like a Santa Claus. Uh, this is a Santa Claus costume for this man right over here. Okay, so trash Matt Starr thinks Matt that man. Santa Claus is garbage. I'm fine with you saying that. Wait, I have, I have something to bring up related to what we were just talking about. Yeah. I had a chemistry teacher in high school who used to say that everyone in our generation is going to go deaf because of earbuds and they hadn't been doing enough sort of research on earbuds and how they're 
throwing sound waves directly into your ear, and we're all going to lose our hearing, and I'm waiting to hear if that ever... I'll say this. I haven't noticed a drop in my hearing ability after a a decade plus of using an iPod pretty regularly. But I'm willing to bet that you use music at a normal tone because you're like a sound human being. Oh, so yeah. uh, I have a new phone and it won't let me raise the volume yeah. above a certain level. It requires like confirmation. Yeah. It's like you are raising it above a decibel that is good for human beings. Yeah. Do you really want to raise it up? And I'm always like, I guess not. Like I probably shouldn't. But I listen. I used to have Beats by Dre like huge stereo like yeah. headphones, and I turned them up like to the point where other people could hear. And I yeah, think that's, that's unsafe. And I don't do that anymore. But yeah. I'm willing to bet it's a, a realistic concern. Do you miss it? No, I don't. Like, it turns out you can actually listen to music at a normal tone and podcast at a normal tone and still hear, like, street noise. Yeah. Um, there's been this... I've just been doing it. Like, I encountered a couple of, like, weird sexual harassment things on the street. Like, a guy, like, squeezed a lady's bum and was like, oh, yeah, 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 something like that, and I got involved. But uh, the more I, like, tune up my music, the less I pay attention to my surroundings. So I've made a conscious decision to reduce the volume so that I can like be aware of what's going on around me right I think that's great I think there's too many people that are not aware of what's going on around them in this day and age no, I'm very much aware I feel like JD you're a person who likes to walk around and be listening to people do you know what I mean yeah you guys are great I'm gonna go back to class see you Rita. have a good class you guys are the best have a good last class I'll see you at the theater yes movies Let's oh, do are, it. You com- are you coming to things right no this she's gonna see another movie oh we're gonna see Whiplash alright um, yeah, well, you guys seem to be having a ball. I got real tired, but I got energized by all. I was very antagonistic for a while, and now I've been energized by all of these people. Mm. You got the you caught the break wave. Yeah. Are we done in there? Or what's are they done doing the evaluations? Okay, okay. Um, Ooh, they're giving you notes. They're giving me notes. Why what, are they giving you notes? Because it? it's the last it's class of a two hundred one. Ooh, let's hope you got game, bro. We'll see. I mean, I, I feel like I missed a class, and now. I'm, I told them I'm missing the class show, so I feel bad about that. Ooh, they're going to light you up on those They're going to light me up on my That's going to be the biggest thing. That is going to be it. It's going to be like, so. he's not at our show. I think that's going to be the biggest thing. That sucks. I one time had a class do the evaluation, and then I told them I wasn't going to be at the show, and they felt like I was tricking them, so now I tell them yeah. right away. Have you gotten some of the evaluations already? Um, I have about to get them all. Yeah, they're all. Yeah, the class is about to hand right. them in right now. I'm going to show you a photo. We sent a photo to Sal Gentile earlier and asked him to use it on tonight's we read show. Of, uh, <laughs> late night with Seth Meyers. Do you think? What are the odds of that they'll use that on the show tonight? Um, if they can, if they. <sighs> what do you think of that photo? I'd say it's very funny. Uh, I'd say 30% chance they use it. <laughs> Holy shit, show. that's 30. great odds. That's huge. Just because of the amount of people we know. All right, bye, guys. All right, bye. So, yeah. I, should have, I bet our odds would have been up if I'd sent it to everybody we know there. I bet Conrad Malley would have gotten it on. Yeah. Or, be, or Ben Warheit. Yeah. If we'd really made a movement, I feel like we went in through the most reluctant of messengers. Yeah, the guy who is the least apt to shake the system. I really want to do that T-shirt thing. Yeah. Maybe I'll get Mark Ledgerwood to help me. Make some T-shirts and hang them in the hang them in the NBC store, and then take some photos of it. Take photos of like us, th- Conor. You know what like we? I his think coworkers all with T-shirts. I think in order to yeah, we need to bring. We need, that's Here. a mission. What? Clip it back to your. Uh, otherwise, it'll be too loud. Okay. Um, that's a mission that I feel like we need to get some people involved in. Yeah. Because a, we need to get some people to distract the staff. You know what I mean? So that. 
Like we need a couple of people to be like, oh, can you help me? Like, do you have any for yeah. this? Just like three or four people would be enough to completely uh, engage the main staff members who would maybe say, stop doing this. What right. are you doing? And then you get a couple of late night people involved uh, in it. Connor O'Malley and Ben would definitely do it. He would be so mad. He would be really mad. This is, but the more people we get involved in it, the less. And this will frustrate him more. His frustration will be, will be higher. Right. But the fact that we got so many of his colleagues involved in it, he won't have the same amount of righteousness right. in his anger because he'll be like, well, it will be diffused among. He'll know that we're the cause of it. Right. Um, but us implicating his coworkers right. in it makes it so that he can't really be too mad at us. Um, Oh, well, it's almost 10 o'clock, so we're, we're gearing up for the time where we're going to be heading over. Yeah, should we, what snacks should we bring? What snacks? Yeah. Pat said, could we bring snacks on the way? Uh, let's go someplace like a Dwayne Reed or a, a CVS. Yeah. Is there one nearby here? And then we'll head down to the Beast. Yeah. I want to get uh, some pizza. Yeah, I'm down for that. Um... Oh, did we want to, what should I tell Steve? Steve. Tice. He has oh. to go under the jam. What time is the jam? I don't know. Probably, probably right before. Yeah, we'll be It's probably at it. like 10. Oh, yeah. Tell him, yeah, we'll come in, but I don't know, like. What time is it right now? Like 8? 8.49. Okay. Um, how much more charging time do you want here? Uh, as much as we can eke out. All right. It usually takes six to eight hours to charge, so. Okay, so we're only going to get a little boost from here, right? Yeah, so we can't dawdle. Well, once we get over to two boots, we can charge it again. Yeah. Once we're the beast, we're fine, so it's really just the right. journey and the. We just need enough juice to get us to a store to buy some Christmas candies or whatnot. Right. Uh, I wonder if I'm going to end up teaching next year. Probably. Why wouldn't you? I feel like, yeah, hopefully. I need to probably transition from my day job to coaching and then... But day, your day job, you've already said. Yeah. It's, yeah. I, only for eagle-eyed reviewers slash listeners. But I feel like maybe this could be a thing where you say it out loud as a... As a way of ending it. A way of ending it. Um, well, just, yeah. Do you think... Here's, here's something. Yeah. I will say determinately you will not be working at the current place that you work for all of 2015. Oh, yeah, that's certain. Uh, uh, Is this the first? Yeah, I think 2015 in all likelihood is going to be a year when some sort of career things happen for me. Yeah. I think that's probably... Um, because, like, last... Hey, it's Sylvia. Are you on break from a class that you're yeah. teaching? Wait, which class? Let's look at the thing. Of course, yeah. Are you guys doing a podcast? We're like doing a 12 hour, hour 12 hour day. 12 yeah. Hour 12 uh, hour right podcast. Right now, you're teaching Improv 301. Are you on a break? Is your class still in there? Uh, it is. Do you want to come in and talk to them? <laughs> sure. Is that okay? Yeah, I mean, I, well, I don't know. Am I going to get fired? Ah, fuck it. No one's going to listen to this. Come on. All right. What, what is there to be said? Nothing is to be said. All right. Excellent. Um, what, what are you guys working on? We're doing Harold's. 
Oh, oh. Right. So we're going to do two heralds in the second. Okay. And they're very nice people. Yeah. It's great. So just on break right now? Yeah. 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 Hey, everybody. I'm Connor. This is JD. We're just in the middle of a podcast that we do, and Sylvia invited us in to talk to you for a second. Yeah. Uh, what I need to explain to them the concept of the podcast and why anybody was... Yeah. Um, this is a podcast. It's 12, called 12 Hour Day with JD and Connor. Just pull up a seat. Yeah. And uh, it's 12, every episode is 12 hours long, but we tend to run a little bit over. I don't think we've done an episode that was, uh, all the episodes have been a little bit over 12 hours long. Yeah. Sit next to me, Diddy. I don't, I feel weird sitting by myself. Well, yeah. Do you feel okay. weird that I even did this? Yeah, a little bit. You just pull up a chair. It's sort I of presumptuous. I, I just want to know if anyone had any questions and then they can get on with doing their two heralds. Yeah, is that right? Absolutely. Okay, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 We have zero minutes left in our break. What, what if you have to go to the bathroom? Uh, do you mute it? No. Um, but, no, no, but in, in all instances so far, I don't think anyone's ever been able to tell when it's happened, have they? No. Well, if they do, if they do, it's fine. It's, not, what? Fine. it's what? not fine what? with me. Raise your hand if you go to the bathroom. There we go. See? Well, no, but I pride myself on my discretion. Okay. And I'm really proud of the fact that I have been able to fool everyone into thinking that I didn't do it when I, I also have. thought I was about to out an automaton. Some sort. Oh, that is the way you do it. Yeah. All right. Uh, one more question, then, then we'll. Oh, two, three more questions, and then we have to wrap it up. What hour are you on right now? Right now, we're about to finish the eighth hour. We're gonna. We started at one in the afternoon. But this is episode six. This is our sixth episode yeah, this so year. If they want to hear themselves, they would go to what episode six? Well, I would say start in episode one and listen all the way through, just so you have context for this moment. Yeah. Uh, question and then final question. Do you listen to? All of your episodes before you put them out no. I've listened to a few moments of it. You've had to do some technical stuff to make no. sure it sounds right. We, but we live don't. it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll probably listen to them once I have like an accident where I can't yeah. move or something. And then I'd be like, oh, I can listen back to the old days or something. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but I'm saving it for like act three. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there anything <laughs> off limits? Like, uh, yes. Like for instance, can you guys like still, if you had plans set to go out for like dinner and drinks afterwards, can you still do that? Uh, um, we usually plan it for a day when we don't have other plans. Like when we record it, we usually wait for a day when we have it off. But sometimes I have to go off mic to take work phone calls. Yeah, JD in the first couple of episodes had to take some business phone calls, and he thought he was muting it. But if you listen to those episodes, you can hear some business phone calls. You can hear both sides of the phone call. Both sides. <laughs> Not a good thing. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Uh, I have a question. Okay. Is this performance art or just an act of hubris? Why do we have to restrict it to one or the other? Yeah. Wouldn't you argue that all performance art is an act of hubris? I guess I would. Humanity imposing themselves upon the artistic presence sure. by exerting performative force. Wouldn't you say that, Sylvia? I would absolutely agree. All right. Is not a herald okay. hubris? <laughs> all right. Uh, good luck with both of your heralds. Don't worry about it too much. This is all about having fun. Yeah. Striking <laughs> pizza for nerds. <laughs> Well, I'm glad we were able to, to uh, enter into the core curriculum there a little bit. Yeah. We basically just did a Q&A for a class that had no idea what was going on. And what very little interest. cues did you ask? They were just uh, asking questions about how the podcast works. <laughs> you took up a chair very presumptuously. I feel quite at home everywhere I go. Um, <laughs> Lauren, who was in, that, in there, was my coworker at VH1. Oh, yeah? Yeah. The girl who asked what, what, how, how far we were into it. Yeah, they were all good questions. She was a producer at VH1 when I was an editor. How the tables have turned. Not now you're way. hosting her on a podcast. We were co-workers, and now she's in a class that my podcast is in. 
Yeah. yeah. How the tables have turned. Yeah. Um, shall we head to... What were we talking about right before that? We were talking about something right before Sylvia came over. Uh, I don't know. Uh, something. Feelings? No. Rarely do we talk about that. Um. <laughs> not when the Iceman's in town. Hey, that's because I don't break, not because I'm not broken. Um, the... We were talking about something good. Go, 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 go. I'm also worried that the lob didn't stretch that far. Oh. That may be our Q&A. That's why I was hesitant towards the door, because I was like, is our transfer going to make it all the way through? Well, more private time. If, if we just did a Q&A in an improv class, we might have lost the signal, maybe not. Who knows? You, the listener. You exist in the future. We exist in the now, which is the then to you in the future. Is there anything you want to tell your future self? Um, can I ask my future self a question? You won't get an answer until the future. Right, but I'll, I'll get that answer, though. Yeah. Uh, are you feeling better, Dave? That's what I want to ask. Okay. Okay. Uh, do you want to say something to you in the past in case it's actually, I think just as it may be more plausible that we might be able to get one of these sent back to you in the past. No, it's not. What? It's more plausible. No, he'll definitely able to hear himself in the future. Wait, what are you talking about? It's not more plausible. Connor, but he won't be able to get an answer until he's in the future. So pres- right, but we have no way to send this to the past. We might be able to. No, no. no way. If we can, <laughs> if we can, impossible. If we can get an answer from because no, the past has already happened. Has it? it? Ha- yes. That's one theory of how time works. Yeah, Just because we experience that. But the fact of the matter okay, is, so wait if we're right now, if we're if we think that present Dave can get a uh, an answer from future now, then why not also send a message no, to the past? No, he's not going to get the answer from future now. He might. What's the message you want to send to the past? Uh, you're doing better. We just, I think we just answered. <laughs> that was the answer to... Uh, I know. Yeah. That's good. I'm glad you're doing better. We traveled in time on this episode, guys. What was, yeah. what was, what was wrong in the past, ver- the past version of you that you're hoping you feel better from? Well, uh, that was just past like a minute ago that yeah. you were giving the answer to, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what, what changed? Um, well, I think I'm getting over a cold, and I'm just constantly getting better. Minute by minute, getting better? Day by day. That's great. Can I ask some questions as a representative of the fans of this show? Sure, yeah, yeah that's great. Uh, that. How's uh, Jeff Belson doing? Good. Uh, I was talking with Jeff recently about the fact that his daughter, Kepler, has now reached the point where she's full-on teenager. Like, he realized that maybe a year or two ago, she was in that tween phase where there were still some elements of her that were like the child version of her. And now... How old is she now? uh, Now she would be... 13, I think? Yeah. But now it's like um, she is full-on... You know, she'll be embarrassed by stuff that... Right. Jeff does, or she'll have attitude about stuff that he's yeah. like, oh, right, this is how this is. And um, so he's going through that at the moment. Not in a troubling way or anything, just in a normal way that that happens. Right. Um, I'm frustrated because Jeff <coughs> is visiting Missouri 
but we're not going to overlap. My Christmas is going to happen front-loaded early, right. and his is going to happen days after Christmas when I'll be gone. Right. I didn't know that was going to happen, or I probably would have adjusted my Christmas. Have I met Jeff? No. Um, I feel like I have. Yeah. I want, I, I'm hoping that in 2015 I will get to visit out to Oregon to visit him, and I'm hoping that he will be able to make a visit to New York City. Jeff's on my list of uh, people. If I, have, if I ever make it big, I, I want to put him in. Oh, that's why you feel like you met him, because you've seen him perform exactly. on the thing that uh, you uncovered through your Google searchings. <laughs> Very easy. The Google challenge. <laughs> Um, uh, everyone out there, take the Google search challenge right now. See what you can find. Um, you should have him on this show. Yeah. Well, I, for a long time, have wanted to do the, the Will Met the Jefferson City podcast. Yeah, but he wouldn't necessarily be in Jefferson City, though. Right. But I've wanted to, I, think, I think it'd be interesting to do a podcast where we talk to a lot People of from the past. past. Like Leo... Out in LA, and I met up with him last time I was in LA, and that was really fun. Yeah, catching up with him. Um, well, hope if if Jeff comes out in 2015, uh, my hope is that he'll be able to be out here for either seeing a George Lucas talk show or a Terry Withers mystery or something like that. I wanted to see those things, but I also it would be great if it overlapped with uh, a 12 Hour Day episode because yeah. he would be all in for that and it would be a great day and it would be fun and by then we'll have all the money to have full have that third love yeah um and I do th- and also uh, here's another thing that will I think change in 2015 is I think the likelihood ooh, is we should talk our resolutions for the year ooh make our new year resolutions sorry what are you saying though? well I think at the point at which I transition from my survival day job to being a free agent trying to uh, initially coach hopefully the coaching will lead to me becoming a teacher here hopefully there will be other show business opportunities Um, I think you should just say where you work I don't want to why wait did you this is just happening what no I'm hoping that it will happen in 2015 it's going to happen yeah but that, I think you should say it so that you spoil the pot. Nah, I don't want to. Um, but I... Uh, that will also free up... It'll change our availabilities for when I can do 12-hour right. day. It won't just be like on our occasional Monday. Um, they'll also probably block out bigger chunks where I can't do it, but also yeah. the times when I can will be weirdly different flexibilities and such. Um, but yeah, we definitely have to get Jeff on here. Did you have any other viewer, listener? Yeah, uh, two other. Yes, absolutely. I love it. These are less like uh, these are just I think what fans would want to have. Okay. Like this isn't like scoops for the fans. They're, sure. They're, they'll already know. Uh, but it's like if I, I, I would do this if I was on the show. How far along are you in the episode right now? I think. We're eight or nine hours in. Okay. We're eight hours in. Eight hours in. It's nine o'clock. We started at one. We might be eight hours, nine hours in, depending on private time. Yeah. But, but our time's going to go 12 plus hours or whatever, and then we'll add private time to make up the recording time. Right. But private time goes in where they... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then what are you... 
do you have plans for the rest of the episode? Well, what we found so far is that a lot of things are canceled on today. All of our, all of the plans that we made, almost all of the plans we made, um, haven't panned out because he had to go to a screening. They got canceled. We were supposed to be interviewed for the Atlantic, and that got postponed. Um, we, About this. Show. Yeah. Um, and we wanted to get invited up to be on Late Night with Seth Meyers, and Sal didn't respond. Sal, Sal canceled on us. Sal can't, bailed on us. Sal bailed on us. Well, we sent a photo. I'm going to show you this photo. We sent this photo up <laughs> five minutes before. No, it ended up being three minutes by the time they got through. We sent this photo up and asked Sal to uh, put that on the air during Late Night tonight. And he hasn't responded. I'm going to text him now and ask, did you put that photo on the air? It feels weird because we would put anything he wanted on our podcast. Right. So it feels like he should put what we want on his podcast. Yeah, it doesn't seem fair. No. It seems rude. No. Did you put that photo on the show, Sal? Everyone's asking. <laughs> Everyone's asking. We told him to watch tonight. Uh Something I want to do is we went to the NBC store and I thought it would really bother Sal if we made Sal Gentile t-shirts and put them for Sal at the NBC store. Like gorilla. Yeah. Yeah. I think it would really bother Sal. I don't really know Sal, but He's pretty great. much all I know of him is from this show. And yeah. I think that that definitely <laughs> would bother him. Well, let's wait and see if Sal responds. I said, did you put that photo on the show tonight? Here's, here's what we say. Yeah. If Sal did put the photo on the show, we won't do the t-shirt thing. If he ignored us and yes. did not put the photo on the show, then we're that is basically him asking for the t-shirt thing to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Here, here, we'll do, it, we'll do it right now. Yeah. I'll say it out loud. Yeah. Sal. Wait. This, wherever you are. Wherever you are. If you put the photo on the show like we requested, or even if you made a good faith effort, and what I mean by that is you asked Seth Myers, can we put this photo on the show tonight? If you made a good faith effort, because I'm not going to blame Sal if yep. Seth said no. Right. Sal can't control that. Right. All Sal can control is how much he's willing to go out on a limb for us. Right. Because we would do just about anything for him on this podcast. And we've proven it. We've shown I it. went through and bleeped out like hours worth of yeah. names. That he dropped without us asking. When I asked him at the time, do you want to... Can you say this? And he's like, yeah. He said, no, 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 no. And then he sent terrified emails oh. lambasting us for our open airway podcast. This, that's the weird thing about Sal. I'll say this. He's probably, if not the single most handsome person on a, a performing ECV. Right? I don't know if I agree. Don't you think? I think Sal's handsome. If not the most handsome. But I think you're putting a lot of superlatives onto his looks. If, if which not, I, think, I think he's a handsome guy. He's handsome and he wears those glasses, so he's got a whole Clark Kent thing going on. I think you're just attracted to guys with the Clark Kent look. I don't know. But, but I, don't, I don't feel attraction towards guys, but, I, right. can, but I, I can acknowledge that, like, who's more handsome than Sal Gentile at, at UCB? <sighs> if, if you can name 10 other people. They're all in his league. They're all in competition with him. Uh, guys, we got to have the Mr. UCB action at some point, right? <laughs> Just to honor uh, Sal. But Sal's also... did Terry try to do something like that? Well, he did Mr. Improv. Uh, yeah, I did right. a thing like that. But that was about the improv. That wasn't about... It wasn't like a beauty pageant for male improvisers. Um, 
But the thing is, Sal's the whole package. He's smart and he's funny. If Sal, if Sal looked like me, he'd still be smart and funny. He's still have that going for him. You know? But... Um, I, can't, I can't handle this double... What? The self-deprecation layered on top of the... Yeah, well, that's your microphone right for the moment. I'm trying to I'm trying to mic JD. Okay. Um, I don't know what point I was trying to make about that, <laughs> except to say that. Um, yeah, you just went on this tear about how attractive <laughs> you are to Sal. No, I'm. He's, no, that's a, the he's thing. an attractive uh, dude. I'm not attracted to Sal, but if I were attracted to guys, he would certainly be one that would be in in the marketplace of attraction, right? Sure. Um, he gets very uncomfortable when you talk about that with him. Doesn't make me uncomfortable at all to acknowledge it. I know when I've been bested by a, by you know, like in the in the sweepstakes of, of physical appearance. Sure. Uh, I couldn't run with Sal. You know. Anybody out there who thinks that I'm more attractive than Sal Gentile has a very war. I would say a very unconventional view of male beauty. Yes. You agreed with that without hesitation. Uh, no, I just, I just under, I mean, yes, that's like, I understand. That's just a comment to Sal. That's just a comment yeah. to Sal. I don't think that's an insult. That's like saying, like, if you were going to say, like, who's a good singer? And you'd be like, well, Aretha Franklin's a good singer. Uh-huh. She's better than most people who can sing. Yeah. That's not an insult to other people. Other people can sing sure. well. But, uh, you know, I love the way Tom Waits is as a singer, but Tom Waits would surely say, like, his voice is not as appealing to most people as Aretha Franklin's voice in terms sure. of what is thought of as conventional singing ability. She has a more conventionally beautiful singing voice than he does. Yeah. Right? Right. Like a million dollars is more than $900,000, but that doesn't mean $900,000 isn't a it's lot, lot of money. money. I thought you were going to, as we were comparing me and Sal, <laughs> that you were comparing a million dollars to nine hundred dollars. Hey, honestly, Sal looks like a million bucks. Connor, you look like about nine hundred. I'm like, hey, to me, nine hundred dollars is still a lot of money. Yeah, nine hundred bucks. You're like on your way. You know, Um, that'd pay for uh, uh, more than a month's worth of rent for me. Well, you got a good situation. How many people you live with? Uh, I live with my sister. All right. Yeah. What she pays? It even split. Uh, she pays two thousand dollars. Holy moly! Less than nine hundred. So no, li- it's you- it's an even split. Oh, is he's even? That was a joke. I was yes. gonna say you live in her house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like when the split's yeah. like that, it's like oh, you live in her house. You don't live with her. You live with her. Like yeah, she that's her place, and you were a boarder. Yeah. Um, how did I get start talking about what was it we were talking about? Sal that was leading up to me saying about how Sal's an attractive guy. Uh, how he needs to he needs to put the picture on the air. Yeah, exactly. That he. Uh, this is a guy. Have you just been talking about Sal being attractive? Well, yeah, we were. Uh, yeah. Um, and here's the thing. Sal's a guy who's got everything going for him. You know, he's doing well in his career. If everything fell apart for Sal. I think he's a guy who'd be able to like if somebody no, sabotaged him. I you don't think so? I think Sal's a guy that if. I feel like he, I feel like he could snap really easily and just be broken. Because he's nervous, but he doesn't. He shouldn't be. No, he shouldn't be. But I think. Yeah. I no, think I agree with that. Real bad happened to him. No, I don't want. No, but like, just let's say, for whatever reason, uh, he had a couple of rough breaks or something like that, 
I feel like he's a guy who has the resources. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he doubts. Him. No, he did, I think he'd be crushed he, by it. He doubts himself, and he shouldn't. You know? I don't think he should be, but I think, <laughs> I think he internalizes a lot of things. Ugh. I, has, that has me worried about this T-shirt stunt. No, because I think he would know it was harmless. I, see, to me, those are exercises in getting him to... Yeah, we got to build him up. Relax into the chaos of life. Here's a t- you guys are like that movie that was like, uh, uh, I think Along Came Polly, right? You're like uh, the Polly. You're like I never saw Along Came Polly. Me, me neither. <laughs> uh, but you're not like, a great movie. I I don't uh, I believe you. I yeah. Don't believe it. You're the like free spirit. Sure. You gotta come out of your shell. Here's what I hope. Everyone, I know JD. You don't like when I say for people to tweet things anymore. You used to really be into it, and you don't like it anymore. Well, you, I just think there's so many people that tweet things now. That's what makes it good. You don't like it when, well, like, before I felt it was bad. like, My buddy before Chris we had a tiny little gorilla army, and you, were, and you were good with us doing little maneuvers, and now we have a slightly bigger gorilla army. I'm like, we can do more. But Spicer got, like, uh, how many? A couple dozen. That's great. I mean, that's great. I guess it's just don't tweet at Spicer anymore, listeners. We really he doesn't like it. It's not fun. No, for him. I think he's fine with it. But it's not cute anymore. The the bloom is off the rose. Uh, but please but tweet at Sal. Please tweet at a Sal Gentile. No, please tweet at Sal Gentile. I think you're great. You got the looks, and you got the talent. <laughs> so relax. <laughs> Put a lot of A's in the relax. As many as you can fit with your. Let's mess okay, with here, the one here's, here's what I think you should do. Yeah. If you are, okay, this is how we're going to do it. That's so, a good tweet, though. I want, I want to lock this tweet in, though. No, 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 no. I'm going to change the tweet. Okay. I think it should be a waterfall tweet approach. Yeah. So, right now, search at, is it Sal? Sal Gentile. Gentile. S A L G E N T I L E. Search it on Twitter. Murray's on the monitor. Okay. So, search it out. Let's see how many tweets and replies. But so, if you're listening to this, I want you to search it. And if anyone has tweeted I think you're great that's the first line yeah uh, if no one tweeted anything tweet I think you're I great I think you're great if hashtag you... one okay yeah. hashtag the number one hashtag the number one if you see a hashtag the number one and not an accompanying hashtag number two tweet at him you got, you got the, the looks. looks and then the third one you got the no you got the looks, looks. you got the brains you got the talent you got the talent hashtag number two and if you see two of those already there do relax, x, 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 More A's or more X's? A lot of A's, a lot of X's. A lot of A's, a lot of X's. Hashtag three. And if you already see a number three, go back to one. Yeah. So basically, we're just going to give him uh, sort of these triptych tweets. Yeah, so that's going to nail it in for him. So do your homework. Use Twitter responsibly. But one, two, three, waterfall approach. I'm going to lock these tweets in now. Those are the tweets that we're doing. Gadoom. Gadoom. FJD, turn in the actual physical locks on Twitter so that's the hashtag campaign. Because we want to build Sal up to the point where he feels good about himself because he should. And that's why we should sell his t-shirts at the NBC store. Yeah. The hope is, the goal for this is that Sal will either get a real charge out of it. They might give him a show. They might go, this looks good. Yeah. That's the goal is that ultimately they'll be like, we got to restock those Sal Gentile shirts. And they go, what Sal Gentile shirts? Who's like, Sal Gentile? And they're like, oh, you're right. Sal Gentile. Now that's a name we'd give a show to. Sal Gentile Giant. He plays a the nine giant foot tall show. Man. The giant show. He plays a nine Sal foot tall man. Gentile. 
He plays a nine-foot-tall man named Robert Turkey, who's got drumsticks for hands or fingers, depending on what day of the week it is. And he lumbers in to deliver you a dinner. It's called Sal Gentle Giant. Yeah. Um, Orlando uh, texted me a little while ago. I said where we're going. I said we were going to head over to the Beast in a little bit. So he'll probably see us over there. What are you guys doing at the Beast? Tonight, you should come. Uh, At midnight, or maybe a little after, after the Improv Nerds Jam, we're going to have our annual holiday screening. And this year we're going to be screening the 1978 Christmas Eve on Sesame Street special. Yes, I've got the email. Yes, and it's a uh, private event, but you can invite friends if you know anybody that you think would like it. Um, it's not a thing we can advertise because it's just a free screening of a thing that we don't have the rights to, but, um... We should come. What time is it? It's Midnight. Like whenever it's done. 12, yeah. 12, 15, and the special's about an hour. So... It's 44 minutes, probably. Yeah. And for the purposes of the listeners of this podcast, um, because we mistimed, I was a little bit late, and it took a while to get things started... Um, we were going to end the podcast before the screening ended. Now it's going to be folded into the podcast. And so right now... Maybe I can have... What? Maybe I could just get Pat or whoever's running the board to just put the output of the board into the recorder so they just hear it full. But isn't that a cheat for us for the podcast to just have the audio of the special? Oh, we're going to talk through it? What I was thinking is that we'll, we will tell the to hit, people to hit play on YouTube yeah. now, and then we will quietly do a commentary. Maybe. We won't talk through the whole thing, Yeah. but um, the last hour of it, uh, yeah. we'll just say, like, if you want to... I mean, like, I feel like no one can really complain... We've given them 11 hours of content. If like, it's like, I don't want to listen to a commentary track for this one, well, then you'll just see one of those listeners who didn't listen to that part. Sure. And you guys, you've like, uh, 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 locked in some extra minutes on like every episode. So. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so we have some in the bank. Yeah. Did what you else? listen to the la- at the end of last episode? No, what happens at the end? There's a, a cool moment that happened completely spontaneously. What was it? Did you, listen, did you hear that part? I'm like, at... 10 hours or something. Oh, I don't want to give away, but it's great. The moment your mic dies, uh-huh. I turn around and there is a, an old woman playing La Bamba. Oh, wow. So it goes, goodbye, Jake. <laughs> la, 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 La Bamba. La, 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 I just let that play out for a couple minutes. Yeah. Um, everyone, the first question that was asked of us in there was, uh, how do we go to the bat? How do we go to the bathroom? Do we mute it, etc.? I was pretty proud of the fact that we don't mute it, but we do make it. You've never heard us go to the bathroom, have you? In it? Uh, I feel like I've heard JD, but JD I hear so. You you try to be real, yeah, like ninja like. Yeah, I go. You've talked about this, of course. Yeah, there have been many moments where I'll just suddenly hear a flush, and I'll be like, "Whoa!" <laughs> I like that. that. I like that because I feel like that's my magic trick. Yeah. And it's not one that I can do on a show in Vegas. Where I'm I like, do feel a little bit, like, deceived, though. Like, <laughs> I was listening under the, pre- like, the idea that you were not peeing while yeah. saying what you were saying. Here's the other thing that I, I think about. 
is like, for instance, like right now, there's someone that's, there's people that listen to this that aren't New York based. Yeah. They have no idea what this room looks like, what we look like, what position we're standing in. Like sometimes we'll be walking down the street and Connor will be like 10 feet behind me, but it sounds like we're still right next to each other. I don't know. There's something weird about the fact that the mental image people have in their head of, honestly, there might be people. I doubt it. Eh, maybe. There might be people who listen to this who don't know what you and I look like. Have you ever had that with a podcast yeah. where you listen to it and you have a mental image of what the person looks like and you see the person and you're like, that's not what I want. Well, like old, old time radio shows, yeah. you know, like they, they would have like the Jack Benny show yeah. and people would have an idea and then it becomes a TV show and they'd yeah. be like, that's not what I thought they looked like. Right. I remember there would be like uh, morning radio shows I would hear on the bus going to like grade school yeah. and yeah. Then I would find out what those like Z100 guys looked like and I would be shocked at yeah. how much they did not look how they sounded. Yeah. So I've started doing a thing when I listen to a new podcast. Before I listen to the first episode, I will look up the hosts and what they look like so that the mental image of them matches up with their voice so that I don't have that weird dissonance. Mm. Can I say... Uh, as a, uh, another, this is another thing that I think is a fun privilege of me, being here for this. You like lied about something just now. This is like theater of the mind, but only I know what it was. You said something that people listening are gonna have an image in their minds that's not true. I don't know if you even noticed as you did it, but. I don't know what he's talking about. Wait, say it, I don't know what it is. Wait. I don't know if I want to give it away, but you, the way you described. Whisper it to me. Uh, there's a microphone right on wait, your shirt. Wait. Think I'm going to fall for that wait, trick? Wait. I remember you... you pulled that on, on somebody else on a previous episode. I'm <laughs> a fan, man. You can't pull these tricks on me. <laughs> I'm trying to think. What was it in relation to that I lied about? Uh, so if somebody would have a, an image in their minds of what the scene looks like, right. it's different from the way it actually is. I feel like I've derailed this entire. So, no, so I think we wanted to say what it is because so I don't think you were really. Cool. Yeah, I don't think it was intentional. All right, all right. What did you say? You described. I'm all. All right, I'll give up my fun thing. Okay. Uh, I'll lie said, about something else. Okay, great. You said like uh, they they think we're like standing here something something. You guys were both sitting down. Oh, interesting. Yeah. That was totally not unintentional. An, not an intentional yeah. lie. And right now I'm like. Uh, as soon as he said you lied about something, you lay down. Right. So you're lying right now. See, Connor's lying again because I'm sitting in a chair right now. Yeah. Um, and where am I, listener? Look behind you. Um, Connor's pacing around. Or is he? What's a lie? What is true? Is David standing or sitting? Am I standing or sitting right now? How many fingers am I holding? Connor, watch this. Here's, oh, this is a weird, this is like a... One of those lost things? Yeah. Or, no, it's like, not like lost. It's like any other thing. It's like some, anyways. It's a psychological test about mm-hmm. our audience trusting it. Yeah. Connor, how many fingers am I holding up? Four. Is Connor telling the truth or is he lying? Now you say whether I'm telling the truth or whether I'm lying. Throw a mic towards him. Connor's lying. And now you say whether you think David is lying or telling the truth. <laughs> David was lying. I mean, unless you're being technical about it, you hid your thumb from me. But I don't know whether you're counting the fact you were holding your whole hand up now, as holding out. Is Connor going 
a long way around to it make up a complicated creating realities. It's kind of going a long way around to make a super complicated universe out of this. Yeah. What, are you refusing to lie on this podcast, Connor? No, I probably have lied on this podcast at some point. How many fingers? Two, but your whole hand is up. Now three, and you've okay, turned it to me. Now one, now two, now one, now four, now three, now two, now one, now two, now three, now none, just a fist. What if I told you Connor lied about one of those? I think you'd be over crediting me as far as my ability to respond that quickly. It's simpler to just tell the truth in this case. Um, now I'm just going to keep lying. That's the podcast. I'll never know what's true and what's not true. Um, la 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 bamba. I feel like we should head over. Okay. Why? What time is it? It's 9.30 almost. It's either by midnight, right? Well, not if you're doing improv jam stuff and we've got to get candy oh. first and stuff. Okay, let's head down there then. Um, yeah, midnight's the goal, but I don't think we want to aim to be getting there at midnight. I think, yeah, sure. Uh, all we need is a battery to last us getting over there. Right. Um, let me ask this. You, I see a thing of student feedback forms behind yeah. you. Those are, you're kind of guarding those. Yeah. Those are private. Yes. You get in real trouble if you share those. Uh, yes. So you get fired. Are, that's when I'm in real trouble. Yes, yeah. I would get in very much trouble. If, if they found out, if, those were, if someone were to post blind items on a website that were like redacted student feedback forms, uh-huh. where they got rid of all the details but you get a sense of them, that'd be big trouble. Have you, have you guys seen this used to be complaint box? Everyone's buzzing about it. Of course. Horse caca. What's that? Horse caca. Is that a character on that? Yeah. Horse caca. Um, it's a Tumblr and a Twitter, oh, right? It's a Tumblr and a Twitter, right? Um, oh, I've only seen the. It's uh, I've only seen Twitter. I think there's a Tumblr too. Yep. Um, oh. Is this something you run, David? It's not something I run. <laughs> okay. Do you have an opinion on it? Um. Basically, there's a there's a online forum where there are like complaints, but it's, but an, it's, not it's secretly the, run. It's no, not it's like associated a, with the theater at all. No, it's not. It's an anonymously run thing, right? So it's Correct. kind of like it's kind of like. An, I have my I've, theory as to who's running it, though. Could be wrong. Um, it's kind of like the UCB equivalent of anonymous, right? No. <laughs> I, sort of. Um, yeah, it's weird. It's like. It follows a lot of people. I noticed it just because the Twitter followed all my bit Twitters. Yeah. But it only has 52 followers so far. And it's favorited two tweets. Let's see uh-huh. those tweets. So, so shocking that people don't want to follow a thing that's just anonymous complaints. Well, <laughs> People are desperate to hear people, complaints. People are desperate for anonymous negativity on the internet. You just yeah. don't know where you can find it. I think UCB people aren't as desperate for anonymous negativity. Yeah, I mean, I, don't th- I think everyone's fed up with anonymous negativity, so no one's desperate to yeah. hear any of this. Yeah, the uh, two things that people, the two hottest things going into 2015 are positivity and attribution. Those are the two big tre- things that are trending on the internet right now. That's true. Positivity attribution and attribution. Yeah. People love to know what do you love and who are you? Wait, test, 
Uh, JD. Have you seen this Twitter? Oh, no. Was it a spoof? Fox box? What? What? Nothing. What happened? Nothing that bad. Did we lose any time? No. Can I make a quick adjustment? Uh, yeah. What did you do? Frustrating. What did you do, JD? When it shut down. Oh, it went back to Syria? It went back to mono. You don't like mono? No, because I want to separate the tracks so that we can get different. But I thought you had a problem with last time that right, glitched but I fixed out. it. I have a way to fix it now. Yeah. Well, I'm wearing a t-shirt that says the Beatles in mono. Okay, Connor. So I'm... Can you just keep doing one thing? Just go, ah, uh, just so the audience knows what they'll be missing. Ah. Uh, Wait, don't start yet. Yeah, start now. Okay, go. Uh, there we go. We're okay. back. Okay. So it's just one segment will be in mono, right? Classic. And I bet they won't even notice it. But for me, this means that like I can, for example, I need to give myself more bass, and I need to oh, he is lower the bass on you a little bit. The recording. All about that bass. All about. Um, so this is a spoof UCB complaint box box. Yeah, it's a, a complaint box for the UCB complaint box. Has anyone posted anything on that? It has it almost has as many followers. It has 37 followers. Yeah. It follows fewer people. It has the same number of favorites. Um, yeah. well, See, here's... I'm sick of people. I guess I, guess I do get antagonistic in this podcast. But I guess I'm sick. There's so many people, and it's not just in the comedy community. I see it in the film community also. Mm-hmm. And in the parts of the art world that I am familiar with where there are people that are call themselves artists, comedians filmmakers, whatever but instead of actually creating work or doing anything to warrant them owning that title they instead section off a corridor of some institution that they can then become in charge of yeah so these are people that are in it to just gain status and so because it's harder to gain status through actually creating compelling work or things people care about Mm. they then like put up you know a fake rope around a a corner of an institution and then say i'm in charge of this and try to gain status through controlling some minuscule part of some you know institution it'd be like if i basically like moved all these chairs uh-huh. Into like a JD's circle. JD's referring to there's some chairs in this room. What's that? JD's referring to the, some of the yeah. seats in this room. If I move these seats in the corner, I was like, okay, well, this is this is now my library, and if you uh, if you want a book from my library, like you have to come to me. Da da da. And it's just like people setting up shop within another institution, just like creating another filter. Uh-huh. It's so frustrating to me, and it's I think it's uh, I respect it the least out of any. Also, because they feign altruism, they feign that it's somehow for the institution is for the people it's not it's not at all it's for them to have this weird like feeling of power and domain over some part of an institution well yeah and I think the uh, like there's a thing that Elvis Costello has said where someone will be like uh, hey is this song about this person or is this like that and his response always is if I wanted to tell you that I would have written it in the song right uh, that like the song is what it is if I wanted to tell you this song was about Margaret Thatcher I'd write a song saying it's about Margaret Thatcher and he did that right. but uh, in that example but there's an example of like uh, rather than complaining a complaint in and of itself is just a complaint and anybody can do it but like 
if you actually have a problem with like a certain kind of movie, make an answer to that movie or make right. a right do come up with a work that like does the thing that you like or that like um, like I think the movie have you ever seen Bamboozled the Spike Lee movie yeah. I feel like that's a great example of like he had a lot of like that movie was actually a lot more powerful than a lot of uh, right. op-eds he could have written about the same topic where he's like I'm going to show you what I think is the problem with the way that right. the entertainment industry works here it is and uh I think that's also the case with like answer songs. Like people will like their response to a song that they have a problem with would be to write a song that kind of like nails yeah. the thing. And I think to a certain extent, I think uh, not that this is the only like that. You know, there are multiple improv theaters in New York City, and a couple of them yeah. they mostly when a new one opens, it's usually because someone has like had a problem with UCB right. and decided to start their own theater, which I think is a totally valid thing. I actually think that that's... Right. Like, you can criticize any number of things about any institution, but it's like, oh, if you don't like the way things are at a place and you don't feel like you can change it, then, like, do your take, own thing. Take your goods elsewhere, yeah. Um, but I feel like it's sort of like... Like, I've often had that... that uh, like, I know that, like, with the stuff that... that I'm working on, like, I think we're fortunate that, like... Uh, the reaction to the Terry Withers mysteries has been so uniformly like, right. positive and encouraging. But if for some weird reason it hadn't been, I think we just would have found someplace else to do it. If for, right. some, if for some glitchy reason it hadn't caught on here, I think we believed in it enough that we'd been, we would have been like, let's find our own venue. Right. And that's, that's a lot of what I've been talking about too, is that sort of my jadedness with the current UCB thing is like, well, I can complain as much as I want, but also I'll, I'll, t- I'll take my stuff elsewhere if that's you know what I mean if, if these are things that I really dislike about the situation then I will yeah I will go elsewhere um the uh but my point is more not about the complaints but the people who because I think everyone has there's always complaints right yeah that's one of my it's, biggest issues is with complaints but it's I, these people that try to create these false Groups, these false altruistic missions that they're going on, but they're really just attempts to position themselves as people who have status. And and doing that within a creative community, it's like it's also it's like trying to be like the best ball boy in the NBA, where it's like, well, you can do that, but it's not even like that. It's different. It's different because these are people that want to be doing creative stuff and instead they put the energy towards something else just because the thing they're truly interested in is status and dominion. There's also an element of, it's, it would be like a YouTube commenter being offended that they weren't appointed to the UN. That it's like, well, this isn't the way to do that. That it's like, there, the, I think this all stemmed from originally there was like an anonymous posting on a message board that was then like uh, taken down because it was an anonymous right. posting. And then people were like, you took it down. They're like, well, we're sorry that anonymous complaints aren't actionable, but like that is the world that we live in. That like, there's very little you can do about an anonymous complaint, right? Unless the anonymous complaint is, I've put a bomb in the building or something like that. If it's just like, is that what you're saying? No, that is what I just said. Um, you can quote me, but you'll be wrong to do that. Yeah, everyone heard. Everyone heard Connor. You can quote. You can quote him. You can quote me when I said there's a bomb in the building, <laughs> but you'd be wrong to do so because I haven't said which building, and I was just kidding. 
So um, everyone quote Connor Ratliff. There's a bomb in the building. Hey, has anyone, has, have you guys seen, probably not, I, I, probably not, but they just released some deleted scenes from Friends, I think. That there was this a, is a left turn. Yeah, no, there was a. You're trying, you're trying to cover your tracks in no, the bomb there thing, was a, huh? No, there was, no, because uh, it's really that. This was from an episode that was supposed to be, I think, in the season premiere, maybe, of the fall 2001 Friends. One of the early episodes was Chandler and Monica were going on an airplane trip and they're going through uh, security, and Chandler sees the sign that says, You can't make jokes about bombs. And he makes a joke about the fact that he can't make a joke. And he's like, uh, I would never make a joke about that because I take my bombs really seriously or something like that. Right. Uh, he makes some joke, and then they're immediately like taken in by security, and he's like, why would I joke about it if I had an actual bomb? If anything, I would be not joking because I wouldn't want to get caught having a bomb. And they're like, are you saying you have a bomb? And he's like, no. And he keeps like digging himself in deeper. And, but they basically had to cut like a big chunk of this episode because they're like, this isn't funny this month. Uh, and, uh, but it was... To me, like this is like last week. I was watching this. And I'm like, oh, this is like a third of a Friends episode from when it was like on and it was running. It and I was a fan of that show and still am a fan of that show. Um, Do you think people will be a fan of Friends the same way? Do you think people will be the same way people were a fan of Friends? Yeah. The generation that is that exact age. Yeah. Or will they be that have that same reverence for The Big Bang Theory? Maybe. I don't know who watches that generationally. Everybody. Everybody? Do you watch it? I've never seen it. No, but I'm saying... We're in, but we're it's in not a, comedy people. Yeah, comedy people don't watch it. But Did comedy people watch Friends? Yeah. At the time? Yeah. Here, well, here's the thing. Not everybody, but you, I think you'll have an easier time. Uh, um, uh, Darcy Carden and I bonded over this on a tour code where we were talking about how great Friends was. And I bet if you go around the comedy community generationally, you'll find a lot more people who are into... Friends, um, then you will now going around the comedy community where it seems to be. We also right, but I'm saying in eight years. Well, here's what I don't. Will know. People will be like Big Bang Theory. Here's what I don't know. The Indian guy was so funny. Here's what I don't they know. Cut a is thing, that they cut a thing where he did an ISIS joke. Friends was one of the last shows, one of the last broadcasting shows before we got into the more nicheified era that we're in now. And so we are kind of firewalled off. The, the, this sort of comedy community we're a part of, it's harder to find people who watch The Big Bang Theory. I don't, I don't know anybody who watches it. Um, do you know anybody who watches it? No. I mean, my parents. But a lot of people watch it. Yeah, but your parents are, they would watch Friends too, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah they watch Seinfeld. Right. Um, so there are people who watched multi-camera network sitcoms when that was the biggest thing to watch. Right. Generationally, here, I'm going to call Jeff Fazan and ask if Kepler watches The Big Bang Theory. Um, I don't even, I don't have any, I don't have a dig to say Is about, Kepler named after what? Johannes Kepler? The, yeah, the, yeah, that's yeah. where the name's from. Um, yep. Okay, hold on. Let me call Jeff. Put him on speakerphone. Jeff Falzone. I'll ask Kepler to ask her friends. Do people woo at his graduation? Yeah. Yeah, I was very impressed by that. What, my graduation yeah. video? People wooed at that. I don't think anybody wooed at that. No, I don't think anyone wooed when I did it either. I think I'm going to go right to voicemail. 
All right, come on, pick up the phone. Hello, you've reached Jeff Falzone. Just leave me a message, and I'll call you back as soon as I can. Thank you. Falzone. Hey, Jeff, uh, we're recording 12 hour day, and here's what we need to know. Text me or whatever. Um, he could have texted him also. Yeah, but this is a podcast. It's better to do a, a yeah, if true. we can do an audible thing. Um, text me and audible. let me know, does Kepler, does Kepler ever watch The Big Bang Theory? Have you or Caitlin ever watched The Big Bang Theory? Do you know anyone who watches The Big Bang Theory? Particularly get Kepler to ask all her friends uh, for a podcast if they watch The Big Bang Theory. Because we're trying to figure out have her people of the younger generation, yeah, have her Instagram all her friends about Snapchatting and the Big Bang Theory and whether they do or not. Um, we're just trying to find out, like, my generation, our generation thinks of friends a certain way, and we want to know, does the younger generation feel that way? Does anyone in that generation feel that way about the Big Bang Theory? I don't know. I genuinely don't know the answer, but please respond about this. Please. Uh, you have, uh, we have a few hours to respond. All right. Um... It's hard to know, like, but anyway, but I was really super excited to get basically a third of a classic Friends episode that it's not like it was like, this was deleted because it was racist and here it is for historical reasons, like some old Bugs Bunny cartoon or something. It's like, this was just a little bit insensitive in a very sensitive season where jokes about airport security, like they would have no problem getting these scenes on the air now. UCB training center. Hello, UCB Training Center. Oh, they hung up. It was Falzone. Um, what's, what's your favorite secret thing you've ever found? Unreleased thing. Secret thing? What do you mean? Like an unreleased thing, like an episode, the Friends episode that you saw a third of. Well, like, what do you mean by secret? Like, any well, of it's like a thing that wasn't out. meant to be seen by the public and that you got either it's a deleted scene from a movie my or favorite, del- oh, my fa- uh, an unreleased track. One or of a- my favorite deleted scenes from a movie is from Aaron Brockovich. And I've often considered, but I just haven't taken the time, making a cut of the movie where I insert the scene back in. There's a scene where, in the deleted scenes, Aaron Brockovich... You know, do, you remember, do you remember that movie? Do you remember it? I never saw it. I remember it rarely. I love it. I love Aaron Brockovich. It's, it's Soderbergh making a mainstream hit popular movie but he does it in his style he's got his filming with his little filters and stuff it's great but there's a scene where Aaron Brockovich she thinks she's been given the go ahead to research this thing that's happening by Albert Finney her boss Albert Finney from his point of view thinks she just left she left the office and didn't come back was gone for days she thought she was like investigating this case and he's like no one authorized you to do that and so she comes back, and he's basically like, you're fired. She's like, I've been working my ass off on this case. And he's like, who asked you to? He's like, this is not your job. Then he starts looking through the case, and he realizes there's something there. There's like a legitimate class action suit. And she's been doing a lot of good work. And goes back and talks to her. But the scene where she's fired, there's this amazing scene where it's a shot of Julia Roberts walking out of the office. Everyone in the office at this point also hates her. She like dresses a little, little bit trampy and she's abrasive and she uses a lot of foul language. Like everyone just thinks like, who is she? And she's carrying a bunch of her stuff. And when she gets to the door, it's a door that has like Venetian blinds on the door. And she's trying to get the door open while holding this big crate of papers and files. And 
she can't open the door and hold the stuff and it's like dropping out of her hands and it looks like a real genuinely awkward physical thing which is already a little bit funny because it's kind of like you don't associate like Julia Roberts is a glamorous movie star and here she is doing this thing that just looks like a real klutzy thing that anyone would go through and she looks up at all the people who are staring at her just having been fired and she yells at them will one of you cunts help me with the door and it's just like such a surprising line for Julia Roberts to shout in a movie I have a feeling it probably didn't test well because it was just right. like unpleasant. But to me, I was like, that's a delightful scene. Right. The other thing I'll say, which I may have mentioned before, is the original ending to Army of Darkness. Yes. I love that ending so much. Do you know they're making an Evil Dead TV show? Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell? Really? Yeah, they're making a, a Bruce series. Bruce is on my list. List of what? The Good list things. of when I make it big, the actors I want to have. Yeah. I have a running list on my iPhone. Can we hear that list? Yeah. Fans uh, want to hear it. Fans want to hear it. I'll say where I work if you read your list. Okay, that's a deal. All right. Oh God, I wish I'd made that deal. <laughs> oh man. We're I probably would. I probably would have would have read it regardless. But really? Well, no. Then forget it. Then forget mine. Yeah. Fuck this. I'm not gonna do this. No. <laughs> it's Connor. It's in your hands. How long's your list? It's got a good amount of names. Double digits. Maybe just, but they're people. They're, it's things that I, people I think about. How about if I read my list of people that I want to work with? No, not interested. <laughs> I, knew, I knew that was such a bad trade. I, I almost just didn't even say that because I thought it sounds so weak. Um, Jeff Osborne says I can't be on phone for about an hour, but I can text Kepler and ask Kalen. What specifically am I asking? Do you watch Big Bang? <laughs> Do you watch BBT? And am I also asking if she and her friends think it accurately depicts the way friendships feel slash are? <laughs> I like that. I like that addition. Ask that, all of that. But also, we just want to know if they watch. Want to know if they watch and if they care about it. If they like it a lot. Okay. Um, yeah, I'll say where I work if you read that list. I'm just staring into this vending machine. Mad, oh, that, mad that you made this deal? Yeah. I said, yeah. mad that you made this deal? You're like, are you mad that we made the deal? No, I'm saying, okay. is that what that look was? No, I was thinking, the thread I was saying that before is when you said, is there a thing about candy and parenthood, there's a plot line that has to do with Max, their autistic son. When he's at school, they take away the vending machines, and he's obsessed with it, and it's all he'll talk about with anyone is that it's not fair, it's fascist, that they're right. taking away these vending machines. And he decides to run for student body president, and his entire platform is, I'm going to bring back the vending machines. And he wins. Uh... And uh, then he's a terrible student council president in this sense. All he wants to talk about is bringing back the vending machines. And, and they're really having to work around the fact that, like, they have other student council business. And he's like, no, I ran on a platform of this and this is what's happening. And eventually they do add back in vending machines, but they have, like, healthier things in them. Um, so there aren't that many candy-related plots on any television show I can think of. 
But that really was one. It's funny that you asked that question because if you were to say, what's the candy-related plot on and then insert almost any right. TV show, a lot of them I would struggle to think what the candy-related plot is. Boy, man. You know what? Here, I'm going to say this. Uh, I'm not very careerist about acting stuff, but I, I, there is a part of me that I now know so many people who work on TV shows that there's a part of me that starts thinking like, oh, I guess like it is possible. Like they need people to right. show up and do things for this or that. Like it's not, it's no longer outside. It's no longer like a weird fantasy to think about. Like there's so many TV shows where you and I know people and you work on TV shows and, uh, and I'm about to do a small bit of work on an actual show that I watch. Right. Um, that there's a part of me that starts getting weirdly hopeful about, like when I look at a show like Parenthood, there's a part of me that's like, oh, it's ending. That means that like maybe if it had run for another 10 years, there would have been a point where I could have done something that would have been on that. Like that wouldn't have, it would be a pipe dream on one, in one field of my view of it. And it right. would be also like, hey, who knows? Maybe something could happen. Um, but now I've started thinking that way about some shows in a weird way that I, that I haven't previously, which I think that's a sign of some shifting ambition inside of me right I don't know yeah well there's a certain point like the moment I graduate you graduate film school and you're like great I'm gonna make a feature film I wanna make a TV show yeah suddenly you have to make the mental shift in your head where it's like I'm not trying to make the best student film I'm not trying to make the best film in my class the best film in my year at NYU yeah the best NYU film the best student film yeah I'm going up against, like, if you're trying to make a film, you're trying, you're trying to capture the attention of the country away from Martin yeah. Scorsese. Yeah. You're trying to make a film that's better than Wes Anderson's movie. You know what I mean? You're trying to, right. you're trying to take the eyes that, like there's, there, like, there's a chance your movie could be up a weekend against yeah. any of those others. I don't think I'm there mentally. I think I'm more in the realm of, like, hey, person of interest needs waiters. Right. <laughs> you know, like, they need someone to come in and be like, Sir, you can't sit here and be that part. Right. Uh, I'm more like, oh, the good wife every now and then they have someone who's like, hey, look out. You know, like right. that. Or I'm like, that's not an implausible first step towards something. Right. Sorry, I'm getting together. I have multiple lists. I'm putting them into one thing. All right. Um, well, I'll just say, the, the place I've worked for the past 12 years, um, and it's... It kind of, I mean, it's kind of embarrassing that I've worked there that long, but it's also been very convenient for me. Who knows how much longer I'll work there. But it's been convenient for me to do other things. Although for, I would say from 2002 to 2009, I wasn't pursuing, I mean, during part of that period, I was trying to get a film that I made that I wrote and was in, trying to get something to happen with that. And then there were various other projects. There was a a script that I wrote at one point that was optioned and different things that happened that ultimately went nowhere. But most of the time I was just living my life, going through different things. Bad things happened, things that weren't as bad happened, etc. Um, but the whole time I was working at this job, and it was a stress-free job, it was the only job I applied for when I came to New York. I just went in and applied to work there. And then from 2009 on, it's been a job that I've been able to maintain and still have a comedy career or pastime or thing happen uh, and that's working at the Barnes Noble in Union Square 
huge bombshell. I think I actually did know that, but I, as a fan of the show, this is... Oh, so you didn't know it in-world. <laughs> yeah, as a fan of the show, I didn't know. Yeah. As a real person, I knew it. Don't come by. Good. Don't come by. No one's going to come by. <laughs> Someone might come by. Don't come by. Because the thing is, I've been recognized in the past year. It started happening where, like... And it's always at the worst possible moment. Like, I've been recognized when I'm, like, loading books onto, like, a cart. Someone's like, hey, aren't you... You perform at UCB. And I'll be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll be like, oh, man, that's great. I saw you do this. I'm like, yeah, okay, thanks. Oh, it's nice of you or something. And one person got seriously, like, starstruck, which is ridiculous, but they were, like, excited to see me, and I was, like, in the middle of just, like, picking up piles of books that had just been left on the ground. Yeah, uh, you say that as though it's a very... I believe there is a... Well, for a long time, I believe that there is a quiet dignity and honest work um, where you just you do a job and it's just like I have a very simple approach to the way I work there it's not store policy to work there I don't even know if I'm supposed to talk like this but uh, I have two basic things that are the way I work there which is like uh, and some of the official policies actually probably bump up against this in some ways but my basic things are like when I'm in a store how do I like to be dealt with and I don't like annoying salespeople, so I try not to be annoying to people. When people have a question, I try to be helpful with them. Um, in a lot of cases, particularly with like, there's a certain kind of customer, some customers are really annoying, but there's a certain kind of customer who I will use the, the basic test of like, okay, if my mom was in a big store and she was looking for something, how would I want a person to treat her? Basic right. golden rule stuff, where it's just like, People come in and they're like, oh my God, this place is so big, I can't find anything, or whatever like that, that it would be very easy to be an asshole to that person because they maybe have like a bunch of questions that I've heard a million times or whatever. But I always just come back to the thing of like, if my mom was in a store and she had a question that was an obvious question, where's the bathroom or you know, something like that, don't be an asshole to that person because you wouldn't want someone you care about to be treated that way for no reason. Right. Or even for a reason that's just not good, a good enough reason. Sometimes, like, when you've been asked a dumb question for the millionth time, there's a temptation to be snarky about it or something. And I just always try to be like, don't be like that because people don't deserve that. Um, so that's been... But it's also, like, I'm up early working there and then I'm done fairly early, which usually I'll go home. I will usually sleep or get other things done. Um... And then I have my nights to do comedy and other related things. Also, I've been able to take off pretty liberally for, like, tour co things or whenever I've booked a commercial or other things that take priority. Usually anytime there's, like, a UCB, like, corporate job or something. Anything where... Usually the trade-off is if it pays the same or more, then it's like, well, I'm going to choose that. Uh, but it's also been a way of having, like, health insurance and other things. Right. I have a 401k. That's exciting. Is it? I feel like that's... I feel like it isn't for, aren't 401ks one of those things that, like, every now and then they'll just be like, oh, it turns out they were worthless. Um, well, they'll sometimes spend the money that yeah. you guys are supposed to get and there's no money for people to get. Okay, we have a response, though, from Jeff about the Big Bang Theory. Oh, exciting. All right. Kepler has heard of it but doesn't watch it. So she's no different than anyone in the UCB comedy community yeah. in that sense. Caitlin says that, quote, apparently it has a huge following overseas. So there's some hearsay, like, about it. Heard of it. I think people across the ocean right. like it. Her phrasing gives it a maritime vibe that I doubt has any relevance. Oh, if you guys get tired or need prompts, I can send you a friendship conversation stimulative. 
Okay. What is that? I don't know yeah, what that is, but people want the last phrase explained. Want the last three words explained. Um, so, do you have any questions for me, Murray, about my job? Uh, I think I understand your job fairly. No, I'm not suggesting it's mysterious, but um, you had a big reaction to the reveal. Well, I think uh, as a listener, it's a thing that you kept secret very. Uh, you're very strong about how secret you want it to be. Yeah. You don't want people to know about it. And now that's a big deal. You, you've yeah. changed your mind about that. Yeah. Revealed. Yeah. Although I think thing, details have been revealed. Probably. Throughout episodes that I think people probably know. Yeah, they probably figured it out. Most yeah. people probably figured it out. I did say it earlier to, in the podcast by accident. And, and I can tell in your eyes you weren't as concerned anymore. Uh, well, it was just exhausting. When I said it accidentally, I was frustrated with myself that I had mentioned it. And then I looked at you and I was just like, ah, who cares? Yeah. Now I get to hear your list of dreams. Okay, so this is just a list of actors. Yeah. Basically. Well, basically, no. There's a list of actors I want to work with, which are the people that like... I'm on that list. Yeah, you are on that list. Of course yeah. you are. But that's a more short-term. That's, a that's more, something I can... Right, we could do gettable. it tomorrow if we want to. Yeah. I mean, in fact, we're I'm, doing it right now. I'm eminently gettable. We're in the middle of doing it. Yeah. Um, why are you wearing your lav like that? Because uh, I didn't want signal interference from my iPod or my thing. Every time it's near a thing... I wonder if we're getting beards scratch. Really? No, I don't know. I don't think it picks up sound through that. No, but it, you never know. These things are finicky. Um, so if you've been hearing weird... <laughs> It was the antenna rubbing against yeah. my beard. Um, there are people that I want to work with who are great actors, etc. But there's a list of people who I have kept. And this isn't all of them. I, I was trying to find all of them. This is most of them. But the, this is the names of actors that like, I feel like maybe haven't gotten their fair shake. Or that played roles and things that I loved. Can I say this before you yeah. go into it? Can we walk and talk and do this because... I'm worried now that I think of it on a, on a Monday night that two boots will close and we'll get over there and there'll be no pizza for us. Okay. Is that okay? Yeah, that's fine. I just had a panic of that where I'm like, what if there's no pizza for us? Right. And I've been sort of pacing myself for it. Right, you really want that pizza. I do. Let's see what we're at battery-wise. Two boots is closed. Yeah? The dollar pizza place on 2nd Street, I think that's better pizza. Really? Yeah. Well, we'll try it out. I mean, go for two boots. You'll want to sit down, right? Yeah. Yeah. David was just saying that there's a dollar place nearby that's good. There's far a, away I mean, like, that's the thing about New York. If you want pizza, it's not hard to get pizza. I know. We're talking about pizza? Not, not a game. Pizza. We're not talking about a game. We're talking about pizza. That's a little anecdote for all you sports fans. So Con- we're just packing up our stuff. JJ Connor, thinks we have enough battery to make it. Connor did not get that reference. I don't get sports references. I know. Not a bad thing. Just not your real forte. Zipping up my coat. 
Laving up my face. All right. So we're, we're going to leave the training center. This has been a nice little uh, refuge. I feel like we always end up coming back here yeah. because it's a, uh, it's a place in it's Manhattan a place with an outlet, with room to talk, and our friends come through. Yeah. There's so, several. It's a place qualities. where we might get questioned as to what we're doing, but not in a way that implies that we're in danger of not being able to do it here. Right, and if someone did tell us not to do it here, we could throw a fit. Oh, you'd be real mad. I would. JD, well, you'd be so... I, I, don't, I think that might be the maddest I can picture you hypothetically, is how mad you'd be if we were totally couldn't use the outlets here. That would just be another, <laughs> another straw. JD is lining up all the gears that he has to line up in order to assemble his bag. He's trying to do it in a way that makes it organized. Looking at the way you put that bag together, is there a kind of bag that is like, this would be the perfect bag for this? Yeah, there's bags that are made to hold these recorders. Why don't you do a Kickstarter? No, we're not Kickstarting. I don't Kickstart things. Bagstarter. No. I, Start I, a new website. I don't crowdfund. You don't crowdsource funding? No. Why not? You don't like it? You don't, I've never done it either. No, because I think you should be able to convince someone to give you funding or keep doing your thing until it's good enough that someone will give you funding. But... The Kickstarter is convincing people to give you funding. Uh, no, it's begging people. Well, what do you think convincing is? What's that? Confident begging. I think that's why. I think. I think that's not gonna. I think that shows that you have misconceptions about. It's nice uh, chatting with you. David. Yeah. This, Mr. David Murray, thank you for being a part of the show. Thank you for. Oh fuck. Those weren't annoying at all. What's that bag? This bag? That bag. This bag? You just bought these from the vendors? The Cheez-It and a Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Do you think that... Test, 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 did JD. You, did you eat Reese's Peanut Butter Cups when you were a kid? Yes. Do you think they've changed? No. Do you think they're the same? Do you think they've changed? Yeah, but I'm talking about a longer time frame than you. I'm talking about, I think they've changed since 1982. Have they changed? I would not have had them. When were you born? 1987. Do you remember CDs being a new thing or an old thing? Um, I do remember. Well, what do you mean, a new thing? Or do you remember being like, CDs, that's the latest? I remember there being a period of time where we only listened to tapes and then a period of time where we started getting CDs. Yeah, confirmed. We uh, talked about that. You I and I are about, about the same age. Yeah. I feel like Reese's Peanut Butter Cups have changed, <laughs> but I don't know. I, I don't know how much of it is that your own, per, my own personal, like, our bodies change and our tastes change right. over time. Um, Ooh, cash you got money. a fat stack of cash right now. Yeah. Uh, Who pays just, for? I mean, we've seen stuff with hundreds. The uh, top was a hundred. At first, need... at first, I just saw a stack of bills. Can I hold this for a second? All right, man. I saw a stack with a hundred on top. And I'm like, that is a lot of money. And then I started noticing that it was just like, you don't have to go very deep into the stack before it's ones. Yes. I thought that's a fun trick. Uh, we, uh, when we make change for people at the front desk, right. we give them singles that we swap out. I see. And every, so someone was like, I need 100 singles. And you're like, okay, here we go. Yeah, I don't know. I don't work the front desk that much anymore. So I don't know when people are being like, I have a, can I give you 100 I like the idea that there was an improviser that was like, I am hungry. $100 bill. Dee 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 dee. 
do 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 do. I just, want two hundred Reese's peanut yeah, butter cups. Exactly. I don't think we would not have that many in there. I would hate that. Listeners of this podcast, do not do that. Don't put a hundred dollars into the vending machine. Let's see. I will. Wait. Will it give change? I don't think it'll take. I don't think it'll. Like, we'll take a twenty. Take a five? I think it'd take a five. How much do most things cost? A dollar? Everything's a dollar. Okay, so there's... Bring your fives to the training center and max it out. I mean... You have, you have enough stuff that someone could pay for $100 worth of stuff. If they uh, diversified, if which is what any... There's, eight, there's 18 slots. Everything's a dollar. So you just need to go six deep. I'll take your word Take the $100 challenge at UCB. Uh... Buy, buy $100 worth of things from the vending machine no. and make yourself a hero. No, guys. Yes, do it. This is the worst. I hate this. <laughs> it's time. Oh, he's the new Sal. If, you're, yeah, if, you're, if you are a student taking classes at the UCB Training Center, bring a $100 bill to the vending machine by the library uh, and max it out. And if it eats your $100 bill and you can't get it back, Connor Ratliff will coach your improv team for three hours for free. I'm hey, it's Sylvia again. Oh, have you even notes? Okay, it's not part of the podcast. Oh, you're done? No, no, we're still recording, but we won't come over for notes. All right, we got to go because there's stuff happening here now, but it's nice to see you. Thanks for having me. All right. So, David. So now, JD and I are leaving. And. Okay. Uh oh. Have a good night. So what's uh, let's go through your list, or should we wait till we're out of the building? Uh, let's wait. wait. We're on the train. Yeah. Okay. I bought a hat recently. You bought that's a new hat. Yeah, it's my first winter hat I've ever bought. Really? Yeah. But you've owned them before. You just said you purchased for you. Yeah, but I haven't owned one since I was maybe in high school. What made you um, buy one for this year? Cold head. You didn't have a cold head last year? I did, but I suffered through it. And then I was like, why am I suffering? I should wear a hat. Uh, now, you chose a, a, a knitted cap that has a ball on the top of it. I did. I liked, I liked how it looked. We're, JD and I are entering into an elevator now. Be proud of one. Do you not like the... I enjoyed watching everyone's monologues. No, I love it. I'm glad you chose it. Uh, all right, uh, we're gonna be oh, squeeze in yeah. here. Oh yeah, there we go. Come on, Michael, you can do it. Halloween shopping area. It's for my nephew. Aww. Are they pajamas? Forty pajamas, yes. That's what. The real. How old's your nephew? One. As of yesterday. What's the difference between a train etiquette and elevator etiquette in your view? What? The difference between train etiquette and elevator etiquette. In terms of? In terms of talking. You and I both went quiet in there. Uh, well, it felt like they were having a conversation. I don't want to interrupt their conversation. All right. Because our conversation in this situation would interrupt theirs. Yeah. What train are we taking? Uh, let's take the uh, AC or E or whatever down to uh, West 4th and switch to the F. Okay. 
Or we can just walk to 34th Street and take the F. All right. Right? Yeah. Uh, um, is the off-run local? Uh, what do you mean? I mean, yeah. like, yeah. Like, we could get an express that takes us all the way to West 4th in one stop, right? Or two stops? Yeah, but we want to get off at 2nd Avenue. Yeah. You're right. I just always opt not to Let's transfer, but we transfers. can. We can. Let's do it. Let's go. Whatever your plan was. Um, we need to get some candy to bring to the thing, right? Oh, right. Maybe we can get that in the grocery store next to the theater or something. Oh, yeah. We can probably do that. Oh, uh, is that I uptown see. Or, uh, uh, what? It's all. I think across the street is downtown, right? It's, or does it doesn't matter. It, says that it doesn't say, so that's everything. Okay. Because everywhere to me. When I close my eyes, it's you I see. Oh, wait, maybe, maybe you were right. Oh, no, you can't go. We'll just we'll go under the tunnel. Oh, yeah. Whichever one comes first, we can try over and over if it's the A. Okay, Davey. Right? Yeah. Stupid. Ah, you're spoiled by the seven. Yeah. Spoiled by... Well, the seven just has overhead announcements sometimes. Queensboro has times. Ladies and gentlemen, because of the investigation at Road Street, downtown B and DSTL trains are running on the A and C's and Charlie lines. Do you think they have staff talkers? 
Like, is that person at the central headquarters? Does that person have their job because they are great, have a great voice? Like, is that their only job is to just give announcements all day? They must have another job. But they, that's just not a random MTA worker. That's someone that's specifically chosen, chosen to have a friendly voice. I think so. And clearly that person's not at this station, they're just at a central location that... That'd be cool to go there and be able to be like, people of New York City. Oh, just to take over the microphone? I am the king of the underground. I am here to tell you. Wait, is this King Bad Boy? Oh, your king, king Bad Boy or uh, no, the King of the Underground is a separate. That's a new character. Throw your clothes into the train tracks. What do you think about the fact that all your characters are royal? This guy's not royal. The King of the Underground's not royal. Oh yeah, he is. King Bad Boy, King of the Underground. Yeah, I, I always play high status, baby. High status or nothing. If you can't get it in real life, get it on stage. That's a good T-shirt. Yeah. Me and Pepe Le Pew. Ladies and gentlemen, the subway has been taken over by me, the king of the underground. Uh oh. Shall we? Yeah, let's do it. Ba da 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 da. are people who either I don't think have gotten a shot or that have sort of fitted into obscurity but were a part of something that I loved as a kid that I want to like so some of these are like like what Tarantino like with like uh, Pam Greer Robert right. Forster uh... okay number one Matthew Atherton aka feedback from who wants to be a superhero from what? Who wants to be a superhero? Okay. I don't know this, but I know you've talked about this show. Okay, number two. Dulé Hill. Uh, number three. Gaylord Sartain. Who's up? He plays... Dulé Hill's from Psych and West Wing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Gaylord Sartain is from all of the Ernest movies. Okay. He plays... He plays the heavyset guy who's always... No, he's like brownish hair. Depends. He always plays Bobby. Or basically he's always one of Ernest's friends. He's like in Ernest goes, goes to jail. He plays the, the heavyset uh, guard of the bank. And Ernest goes stupid. He plays the heavyset owner of the 
uh, like Monster Be Gone place and Ernest goes to camp he's the chef he's great Doug Jones who's that? Doug Jones he plays every like monster like he plays he's like the most famous monster actor yeah like for playing prosthetic costume monsters yeah. but he's really great um, you'll probably recognize him Nothing from Sal? No, but uh, more from Jeff in a second. I want to show you Doug Jones because you would know him. That's on like everyone's list, but I'd love to give him like a really a role he can fight into. That's not just like a ironic role. Um, Mike Jitlov. Do you know Mike Jitlov? No. You would love him. He made a film called The Wizard of Speed and Time, which you would fall in love with that movie. He was an animator that did a lot of Disney commercials and all this stuff. He was like one of the last great stop motion animation animators. And he was sort of like the king of um, uh, like pixelization, which is like where basically like if I take people do it now on like internet stuff, but it's like if I take a photo of myself standing here and then like move myself and inch forward take another photo, you can like animate your body so it's like you're like sliding around the ground. And then he, you could do it where it's like it makes it look like you're running and you make it look like you're running really fast. Yeah. So he did this feature film where he played the Wizard of Speed and Time, where he would like dash around and do all this stuff, and it was all using these animation techniques. Yeah. And he was like one of the guys who would do all the in-camera special effects and graphics stuff. He's a genius. But he made this short that won a lot of awards, and then he made a feature film based on it. Um, but the film is all about. Oops, uh, like how the big studio system like fucks him over and all this stuff like it's really just like this meta film about how much he hates Hollywood wow. and so it's like this really sad like opus but I've always wanted to put him in something wow. okay And then Mark Discasis and Scott Wolf from the movie Double Dragon. Yeah. Uh, Mark plays right now. He's the um, Iron Chef. He's the guy that's like begin that guy. But he was one of the brothers in Double Dragon the movie. Him and Scott Wolf. Um, let's see who else do I have here? Uh, Noah Hathaway. He's a Treyu. He's a what? A Treyu from Neverending Story. Okay. Um, Jeff McPherson. He was the host of 
the first ever real video podcast, TV Bar TV. Mm-hmm. That was like the first big video podcast, the first big podcast ever. Yeah. And it was like an awesome series. It was really funny and weird. It was all about like a tiki bar. I don't know. It was just a bizarre thing. And he played Dr. Tiki. Uh-huh. He And I wanted to And then Brian Bosworth is the last one I have on there right now. Brian Bosworth? Yeah. He's a, he was a big football player in the 80s. And, well, he was a college football player. And he caused all this yeah. controversy. And then he went to the NFL, caused more controversy, and then left. He was this huge guy, yeah. like a white mohawk. Like, if you think of, uh, you know, Duke, nu- Duke Nukem? Mm-hmm. That image of, like, this jack guy with, like, yeah. a flat top. and something, Like, that was Brian Bosworth. Yeah. And now he's... I just watched a 30 for 30 about him, like, uh, recently. And I was like, oh, yeah, I want to put him in something. But I have more people on the list on my iPad list. Uh-huh. That's not connected to this Save one. Save that for another episode. Yeah. But just like, there's all these people from like childhood things or weird small things that I like. I'm like, God, I wish that person got more. Yeah. Got more stuff. Got their shot. A chance in the, sh- in the sun. Yeah, I feel like that's a real good list of. I mean, I haven't heard a lot of people on this list, but that makes it in some ways a better list because it's. These are people that you could. feel good about it and they feel great about it too probably right. if you had the, the chance to use them in a project yeah there's people a bunch of really others appreciated or yeah this is Broadway Lafayette Street Transfer is available to the 6 B D and M train um you know uh I probably have oh Rich Cause who's that Svengooli he was a local television host He's on, I know he's one of the names on the list. Yeah. Can't remember any others. What were you gonna say though? The guy you have a list, but my list isn't as obscure as yours. Like they're not necessarily people that I would have an idea what to do with, but they're people that like I wish were used by different people. Like, like I get excited when I see like. Um, and this isn't an obscure person, but it's like it's nice to see people used in a way that is like interesting. Like um, Soderbergh has used Scott Bakula in a couple of things. Like he was in The Informant, and then he was in right. the um, Liberace movie. Right. And it was like, oh, he's using him in a way that like he probably only gets to go up for like certain kinds of like he's on NCIS New Orleans or whatever. Like probably only gets to go up for hero parts, but he's really good playing like a right. kind of frazzled federal agent in the environment. Yeah. It's really funny in it. Um, and uh, like a lot of TV actors I'm like, this guy would be good in some different kinds of parts. Like, I think Noah Wiley's a really, really great actor. He never gets, he's, he's never like star for work. He's always like starred on successful TV shows and right. stuff. But he's not someone who, uh, like I feel like he, he could have parts in a lot of the same kind of movies that Clooney does where they're like right. both like, like he, I really wish you know. There's that. There's that Aaron Sorkin. This way. Yeah. Um, there's that Aaron Sorkin script about Steve Jobs, and Noah Wiley played Steve Jobs in a kind of so-so TV movie right. years ago. But he was great at it. Noah Wiley was so good at Steve Jobs, and uh, I just wish I'm like, oh, 
just like I know they want to get someone new or they want to do something but I'm like he'd be so good in that movie and it'd be so great to see him paired with like Aaron Sorkin dialogue right uh sci-fi adventure kind of thing but Noah Wiley's always good on it like no matter what you give on him he's always like grounds everything he's right. just got like a one of those people that exudes a certain like compassion and intelligence just through their eyes yeah uh, I'm trying to think if there's anyone who's like like I was really happy to see like in the last season of Louis that Louis got like Charles Grodin in it yeah because I think it was just a matter of like finding a circumstance where he would like make it workable for him to be on set and do it. You know, like it was just for, like, yeah, make it convenient for him. And for a while, I, w- I would have said I would have said uh, Keaton. Uh huh. But he's having he's having his uh, his resurgence. Yeah. yeah. You know who Pat Cooper is? Yeah. He's like a weird, not weird. He's an old insult comic. Yeah. Sort of like Italian. Yeah. Yeah. I recently did a thing with him, and he was great. But it was I think that's why I know of him is because of you mentioning him. Yeah. Maybe I mentioned on the last podcast. <laughs> but it's fun working with people that are just like, sort of have experience and are really good at the thing they do. Like, I got to work with John Michael Higgins. Great. And he was so, so talented. It was so much fun working with someone where it's like, you could give him a direction, and you could, like, see it evolve into all... You know what I mean? Like... Yeah. That's the most fun thing is to be like, great, this guy will go with it. He'll, like, turn whatever I say into something interesting. And Have you ever seen the Late Shift movie that he was in? Uh, I haven't, No. I know of it, though. That was a TV movie they made based on the Bill Carter book about the whole Leno Letterman saga. Right. And it's funny, in that um, in that movie, I just worked with the EP from those Letterman days. Uh-huh. He was the EP of a show that I worked on. Uh-huh. And so it was so fun working with him because he's sort of this very infamous yeah. showrunner. Um, and Robert Morton. Oh. A.K. Morty. Uh, and he, man, he was a trip. His, I worked with his uncle, I think, at Barnes & Noble. His uncle? Yeah, Jerry. His uncle Jerry. Is he? Old. He was an older guy. I right. don't know. He's, he, he hasn't worked there for years, but. Funny. Uh, yeah, he would, he, I found out he, that, I think it was his nephew, worked there, and he's like, and uh, uh, he was, you know, like oh, his uncle oh. worked there. Oh, okay. And he was like, "Yeah, my uh, my son works for Letterman or whatever." And uh, and then I was like, when I found out it was Morty, I was like, "Morty? Yeah, Morty!" Like I was so excited because anyone who watched Letterman back in the day, back in its heyday, right, knows Morty. Like uh, he was as much like he didn't have a persona on the show, but he was always referred to, and you'd see him, and a lot of times it would just be him 
affecting kind of a Lorne Michaels sort of detached stance, reacting and to Dave. Man, was he, he was, I learned a lot from him. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, there, there's not, none of the stories I can tell, mm-hmm. but it was like, he had a very, uh, oh, he was, he was, well, he was the kind, he was the type of showrunner that doesn't exist anymore. Uh-huh. That is like a pretty uh, tough as nails. Like a Rip Torn, Larry Sanders show type, right? Exactly that, yeah. And just some of the things that he said and did, and his, it was like great, but also like, oh man, this anymore. is the kind of guy, yeah. Well, no, not even that, just like, I think people have adopted to, I don't know, uh, have less of a, I don't know, just that like, here's what's going to happen mentality. Yeah. I don't know. He just has this uh, status that is so interesting, that is such this old school showrunner EP vibe Mm. that was really fun to learn from and work with. And, you know, he'd like call people out and really like you know it was really put up or shut up kind of guy but in a way that was like really fun I don't know it was really interesting but man I have stories I'll have to tell you them off off the air right now we're walking past where Connor and I did the show last time with Sparrow can we jump over to the chase real quick yeah um yeah uh, I have one I have one really great Morty story that like sort of reframed my mode of thought for how I approach certain things. Uh-huh. There's actually, here's a story that I can tell that was funny is that we were working on this uh, studio lot. Uh-huh. And uh, someone looked outside and we're on the second floor in our, our building. Mm-hmm. It's like you sort of get, each show has its own building. Yeah. So it's not often that you like see other people. And so someone looked outside and they saw Billy Crystal walking the street. Someone goes, hey, holy shit, it's Billy Crystal on the street. Morty goes, what? And he leans back in his chair, opens the door and goes, William. And Billy Crystal goes, Morty. And it was like this weird like conversation through the window of him being like, what the hell are you doing over here? He's like, yeah, I'm doing this thing. It was like, but it was a very classic like, and just... Him sort of like purposely condescending, and not condescendingly, but like very purposely casualizing him by going, William! Like yeah. that was like a very funny... It's funny because it's for, more formal than his right. working name. Right. Just by it being the ch- choice to call him that makes it personal. Uh, that's fun. Mm. Oh, but um, my memory of the Late Shift movie was very poorly reviewed. It was a made-for-HBO movie. Right. Uh, before made-for-HBO movie had its prestige attached to it. Like, right. And I, I wasn't really aware of him until Best in Show came out. That's sort of when right. that was the role. that, And it was so fascinating when that movie came out because he was instantly beloved in that part like when you went and saw that movie in the theater when it first came out the audience loved him from moment one even though he wasn't in Waiting for Guffman he wasn't part of he was a new addition to that sort of company of players and he was instantly like 
a favorite. Right. All right, we're entering two booths. Orlando is here. He's sitting over in a booth. Can you go say hello to him? Hi, Orlando. How are you? Can What's you up, Lando? Talking like. Hello. Just talk normal. Hi, how are you guys doing? We're doing pretty good. How was your pizza? Great? Okay, good. I'm going to order a pizza when we'll come over and join you. What kind do you think you're going to get, J.D.? I think I'm going to get... What are you going to get? I'm just going to get pepperoni. Two slices of pepperoni? Yeah, I think so. I'm going to get a slice of pepperoni. And a slice of Newman. Yeah. Can I get one slice of pepperoni and one slice of Newman? Um, yeah, can I have two slices of pepperoni, please? What Jeff said, Jeff texted us and said, I gather you have been talking about and may still be the subject of friendship, so if necessary, I could throw you a hypothetical friendship-oriented conversational starter. I'm about to hop in shower. Yeah, do it. We okay. talk about showers, too. Yeah, can I get a, uh, I guess it's like a, like that. Maybe, uh, I get the old one. A lot of empty shelves over there. They might be. Yeah. 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 I can see that. That'd be a shame. Well, maybe I just cleared out the ones that don't have working uh, discs. Yeah. Uh, check it out. That can help. Right. Hi. I got pepperoni, Newman, and then can I also get a uh, ginger ale? Bottle would be great. Cheers. Cheers. 10.25. Are you doing the jam? I might. Come do it. Yeah, yeah. Be one of the people to sit in. Well, we're doing... We're... Tell me something you don't want anyone to know, Alan. Oh, my God, GD! Hey, Alan. How are you, buddy, buddy? What's the secret... Oh, my God! What's the secret I... you don't want anyone to know? Oh, what's the secret? No, no. I... We're recording to our day right now. This is Alan Strazinski. Oh, how's Perfect. it going? Thank you so much. Well, you're on today. What did you get, sir? Two slices of pepperoni, please. Uh, we may figure out if there's a way of incorporating us into the jam while we're still recording the podcast. You guys could totally come and do the jam, you know? Steve texted me and I was like, I can, except for recording this podcast. Oh my god. Um, so we need to make it so that it's not, like, uh, just doing improv would probably sound weird for a section of the thing. Yeah. We might be able to... Maybe one of us could hop in in one set and the other one of us describe what's happening from off stage. Maybe, maybe the special jam could be a podcast. Well, yeah, just do a, podca- just do a podcast it. jam. I love it. Um, and you were, you were glad-handing a bunch of people just now. You were, like, shaking hands and making it happen. Yeah, I know. How are you? Teaching. You're a world traveler. Yeah. Uh, do you have your uh, 2015 travel plans uh, lined up or started out? I don't, but if you want to... Thank you. 
you want to go to... You put that pepperoni in, right? I did. Now it's the yellow pepper. There it is. There uh, England? Yeah. Yeah. Off air. Uh, yeah, I think that would be a fun thing to happen. Yeah. Are you heading over? Okay, see ya. You and pepperoni. All right, I'm you sitting with Orlando. Yeah. 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 Thank you. Uh, you're going to have to speak up a little, I think, because we don't have a third mic. Uh, well, maybe JD can put, use his mic in yeah. a way that's pleasant for you. Go ahead and use this as the bag and coat side. And we're joining Orlando in a booth. Uh, booth Lando. That's what. I'm on Let me make sure we're still recording. Are we? I think so. Does it sound good? Um, how was your day, Orlando? What did you do? Um, well, I babysat today. You babysat? Yeah. Is that something you've been doing a lot of? Yeah, it's what I do when I'm not doing other stuff. Well, last week you worked for the. Uh, or two weeks ago, you worked for the uh, Thanksgiving parade. And then last week was uh, Christmas tree Christmas light. Light. Now, there was protesting. We were by that tree today. Good job. Um, yeah. Uh, I, uh, I've never, what did you do with the tree lighting? It was you and Patrick Connor, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we were just PAs on the... On Personal assistants? <laughs> we were production assistants okay. on, uh, on the whole production. And... Uh, we like picked up stuff. Uh, we helped out with like the pre-tapes. You know how some artists did not perform live. They uh, is there breaking news? Wait, what? Um, yeah, uh, we were at those things. When they record them, do they record them in the street still? One of them was supposed to be like that, but that person canceled last minute. Macklemore? Uh, uh, I don't want to say. I don't want to say. You can't say legally. Well, you shouldn't say legally. Yeah, I shouldn't say legally. Be uh, respectful of your job. But yeah. there's another one that uh, the Lady Gaga, Tony, Tony Bennett one was shot on one of those rooftops in the plaza. All right. And it was very beautiful. And, like I got to watch rehearsal with Gaga. That's cool. I like for a second when I thought you were going to refer to her. I thought you were referring to her as the Lady Gaga. But you were saying the Lady Gaga, Tony Bennett number. You, but I like that you put that. The in front of it. I thought or you were just being very formal with her, like Milady Gaga. Milady Gaga. What's your favorite Lady Gaga song, Orlando? Um, I don't know. So I recently, this summer, I got into art pop. Art pop? Because I was at camp, and the kid who would drive us off campus loves art pop, and he would just play it on the move for us. What's art pop? It's her latest album. Like, oh, so, that's the name. Of, I thought it was a genre. Art pop. No, it's her latest album, which is considered somewhat of a flop. Uh-oh. There's like really good songs on it. I just don't think she picked the right singles. But there's um there's a song um, Sex Dreams that's so pretty cheesy but pretty like I don't know. And if you buy into the cheesiness, it's actually great. Um, and then there's a song called Fashion, where like it has like an old school piano line, like it's disco-y. Um, but she like released. I'm gonna do this while you talk. She released like Applause and and Venus as singles, which are like good songs, but they're not like top tier. No applause. 
Yeah. Which is like the closer on the album. I don't think you should ever release the closer as your single. She's good though. I like her. Mm. It may also be just a timing thing though. Like... It sometimes feels like... Something happens in the culture where... A collective group of people sort of just gets tired of something and they move on to a new thing. Yeah. And it sometimes like it sometimes happens where they're still successful by any normal standard, but they lose the the heat of it. Yeah. It's like they used to be like everybody's thing. Like there's a certain percentage of the public that just like. She was excited, and now it's sort of like we're not interested in the new album. We like those first couples, yeah. like like counting, like in the nineties, like Counting Crows was a successful band, yeah. and they're still a successful band. But there was a period where they were the only thing, and then there's a period where it's like a big chunk of people just like check out and move on to the next thing. Yeah, I've heard it referred to as the imperial period of any artist, like the imperial period. Yeah, so Madonna lost it, and like. That's why they're saying like Gaga lost her imperial period, and now she's like right. Where the, the conqueror of the empire? Yeah. Means. Interesting. I wonder if had the longest reign. I mean, Madonna had a long run. Yeah. Um, still plays at a very high level. Yes. So that's the whole thing. But it's harder to get a new hit single for her than it used to be. It's not harder for her to sell out every stadium she wants. Yeah. But it's harder for her to be the song of the year. It's harder for her to be, like, the song of the summer. Yeah. Like, Cher hasn't had a single in... A hit single in, what, close to 20 years? But But she had a long run where... We tried to get tickets to her at Madison Square Garden, and they sold out in seconds. Mm -hmm. And it's weird that you'll have people saying, like, she's washed up or something because she can't get a hit single. It's just like, well, that's just a different game. Yeah. Right. Like, I would say, like, for my my arc of growing up, like, REM's period ended quicker than U2's period. U2 changed who they were. They changed their identity in the 90s, whereas REM maintained sort of their identity. Yeah. So U2 was like, we're sincere for, like, 10 years. And then they're like, no, we're arch and ironic. And so it was almost like they got to be a new band. They got a second chance. Whereas REM was like, we're an enigmatic. And it's like, after two decades of enigmatic there was a point where that audience sort of checked out where they're like okay we get it you know what I mean it's like yeah. we still like you but this R.E.M. album that you just made sounds like an R.E.M. album and people like we don't need another one we already have our classic ones so they just have their core base but they'd still sell out every concert yeah. you know they'd still like be hugely successful it's weird it must be weird for like you two to have what happened to them this year happen where it's like all of a sudden there's more backlash towards them than there is like people who are excited you know or at least that's the, that's what seems like the public conversation is more about like how dare you like put an album onto our iTunes yeah. you know yeah well I mean they've been quietly losing I don't think sorry so I think that's also wrong I don't think they've been losing steam but they've also like I'm sure they can still sell out Madison Square Garden oh, yeah. quickly but they're just not in the public eye as much. Well, they're in the public eye, but it's not. It's not because it's because they're skillful at certain. Yeah. Like, like they 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 have to work harder at it than they used to. 
Whereas, like, there are people who are in the middle of the guy who it's just like you can't avoid them. Like, it's the, the public is drawn to them yeah. at this moment. Yeah, like Beyonce right now. Yeah, it'll be weird. Like, I wonder how long. I mean, Beyonce is to the point where even when she drops out of it, she'll remain like Madonna. Like, you get a point where you're over the hump, where you're not going to be forgotten. You're not going to be playing state fairs. Yeah. But there will be a point where her album dropping will be less important. Right. And it'll be a noticeable thing that happens. I wonder when that'll be. Not for a while. But it's also, like in the old in the old days, you still had it where you have like Frank Sinatra would reach a point where like people are more interested in Elvis Presley and he's no longer a big thing, but he's still Frank Sinatra, still yeah. hit records. He's still in the hit parade. But the conversation is about rock and roll, and that's not what he does. Yeah. But he would still, you were talking in decades, not in years. You were talking in how many decades is he going to be? Yeah. It's quicker now. It is. Like a lot of people make fun of Rihanna because she, for a while, she was dropping a new album every year. Uh-huh. But I thought that was very smart. Like, you need to, like, every new year a new album cycle to like still keep people interested there's a thing in professional sports where based on your sport of choice you have a certain career length average right so like for basketball the average length is like eight years or so for baseball it's like 14 years for football it's three seasons and for all these guys they're going to make all the money they will make in their life in that period of time from when they're 21 to 28 or whatever and so that's why when you see people negotiating over these contracts you're like it's so much money but it's also if you're thinking about it smartly like they need to hold on to any money they have this is this is they're not going to have a major way to make huge income like this ever again in their life this is it this is the window yeah not all of them get to make a movie where they play a genie right well if you think about the amount of professional athletes that have moved on to entertainment success in the public eye you can probably count that that those people on one hand right Mm -hmm. Shaq Jordan I guess Space Jam yeah Right, but it's not like he's doing that much else other. No, but if you want to make another Space Jam tomorrow, I bet it would happen. Right, but then think about any other athletes you can think of that are like, what's his name who does the morning show? With what's her name? With the... Oh, uh, Michael Strahan. Michael Strahan. But there's very few people. Other than that, there might be sports commentators, etc. So then there's something like the Rihanna thing where it's like, listen, while you're hot, make your money now. Like, this is your time. You know what I mean? Like... If you if this day and age you have three years as an artist to be in vogue, make your bank then, because that's you know you're not you, you, it's not like you have a company that's just going to keep selling computers, you know. Yeah, if I had to live on the money that I made between when I was twenty one and twenty eight, I would already be dead. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. True. Ooh. I wouldn't have made it to thirty three. <laughs> I don't think I'd make it out much longer past twenty eight. I just save all the money I'm making now. And you had to use all that money. I used all that money while I was being 21 and 28. You're right. It would have been like 
29 would have just been like, I got nothing left. And we're done. But Tony Bennett yeah. still going strong. Here's something I was surprised by, you know, like big stars. They were just hanging out by the crafty table. The crafty table? Yeah, just eating snacks like everybody else. Because it was raining outside, and so like stuff was, their performance was delayed. You know, you expect somebody of that height or like that. Yeah, I saw Patrick commented that uh, Tony Bennett said, looks like it stopped raining, and it hadn't. Yeah. Uh, he also used Patrick's gloves. Tony Bennett used Patrick's... Wow, Tony Bennett must have little tiny baby hands. <laughs> yeah. Patrick, Chubby, tiny baby hands. Patrick Montnar, although he's getting a little bit of distinguished gray coming into that hair of his, happened very quickly for him. He's already gotten, he's already got a little bit of that gravitas. Yeah. Uh, but he's got, do you ever meet Patrick Montnar? If you've ever met like a small little baby, right? Mm-hmm. He's got little baby hands. Little baby feet. Little baby calves. Little baby calves. He's like a little baby. But the gray makes him look... I heard somebody comment on the hair and was like, oh, that's very attractive on him. A lady, and I was like, oh. What do you think of... What do you think of Cotton Artist's hair? It's getting gray? No, attractiveness was. I don't... I don't know. It's attached to Patrick Cotner, so I'm not interested. Let me ask you this, because earlier uh-huh. we were talking about Sal Gentile. Sal Gentile, okay. Yeah. And I've said this to him before. It makes him very uncomfortable. Okay. That he's in the top tier of uh, UCB performers in terms of uh, attractiveness. Okay. Do you think that's true? See, that's... Well, I don't, not to me. Not but to that's you. because my tastes are very different. What are your tastes? I don't know. I, I like. Uh, you, you know, you have a defined. You know what you I like. like Who's your small big crushes? I like rougher features, uh, like a Matt Damon. Smart, but can beat a man up. Yes. You like Jason Bourne, Matt Damon, right? Yes. Not informant, Matt Damon. No, maybe a little bit. Oh, you like that stash? Yeah. Um, Rough features, like more average bodies. Right. Average Joe's. Yeah. Joaquin Phoenix. No, that's not a that's a no for me. Is he too strange? Yes, too strange. Ben yeah. Affleck in Gone Girl. Oh, why? Just because he showed his penis? No, I actually did no not see, see it. it. I think that's a rumor. <laughs> no, I think they said it so that people would be like, "I'm gonna go back. I'm gonna see it this time." Yeah. Um, Neil Patrick Harris also in Gone Girl. No, no, too um, thin. Too thin. Yeah. You like some meat on the bone. I like somebody, like, I'm a chubby guy. I like somebody who's, like, chubby, stocky. I don't know. Um, now, uh, so Sal, Sal's not your type. No, no. What's wrong with him? Is he too intellectual looking? I didn't say I don't like him smart. I, I don't no, know. but maybe that's a... Yeah. Is it? Just say that. Yeah. I guess it's a weirder uh, position to put Sal in, though, right? No, it's, you're putting me in the position of judging well, no, somebody you, and then maybe hurting their feelings. What do you find about Bethany Hall? Nothing. She's delightful. See, it's a weird... I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it even if I didn't, but the... 
I'm just responding to what See, Orlando it's a weird, said. It's a weird position to put something. Yeah. I'm just responding to what you said, which is that he's not your type. Yeah. So that doesn't mean you think he's technically unattractive, because I'm not attracted to Saul, but I, I see that objectively he seems to be... Yeah, but that's not something I like to spend my time thinking about. Well, then we'll talk about something else, Orlando. That's all you had to say. That's an offensive. Who's playing in what position? That's a weird question. Yeah. All right. What do you find... <laughs> No, no, I what, just wanted to... What isn't your type about Sal? Uh, no, it's more just trying to th- narrow down, like... Because you, you like... I, there are people like that that I'm like, oh, yeah, I see what's attractive about, like... Uh, I'm trying to think of someone who... Uh, like, a female, like a movie star or something like that that everyone thinks is attractive that to me wouldn't be. Um, who's someone that everyone thinks is attractive? Sofia Regara. Yeah, like... I can see it. Uh, but it's not someone like that's not someone she's not someone that I would find attractive okay. but I don't think she, but I don't think why would you find an unattractive about her um well I don't know I mean my answer to that would be that sometimes it really is just like you know it when you see it you know it when you don't like everyone has a different thing like that so that's more what I'm asking you is that like if there's something that stands out, it's like, well, I'm just really not into this or not into that. Well, I told you what I like, and he, yeah. he, he, he seems to fall us out of that category. Seems that's what, that's true. Yeah. That's what it seems like to me. Um, Who's your celebrity crush? Who's my celebrity crush? Um, uh, do they have to be current? Because some of mine are frozen in time. I don't know. Uh, let me think. Um, at one point, it would have been Blair Brown from the Days and Nights of Molly Dodd. Okay. Um, the she was in French, right? What? She's the lady on Fringe. She's on Friends. Fringe. No. On Fringe, yeah, she's on Fringe. Got it. Yeah, she's uh, Nina. Nina, what's her last name? Uh. Yeah. Do you like French? I love French. It really gets better, too, as it goes along, right? Yeah. Those last seasons are phenomenal. I mean, it was good from the start, but I liked that it became... But the, there, was a, there was a shift in season two where you're just like, it opens up the whole show. Yeah. They kind of commit to, like, we are what we are. We can't be a yeah. hit. We can't be a hit, so let's be great show. Um, let me think. Throw some people at me. I, I, I'm bad at thinking of these. That's not how celebrity crushes work. Yeah. Okay. They're yours. Yeah, you gotta have people. Um, oh, I don't know. It may be, sometimes it's weird. It doesn't have to be your one and only, but it can be like, I would imaginary date this person. I feel weird saying some of these, though. Why? I don't know. I professed my love to Taylor Swift on the last episode. Yeah. yeah. Last time I saw him, I pointed out that a Taylor Swift song was playing. Taylor Swift. Jennifer Lawrence. Mila Jovovich. Is this a Doug theme song? What? Is this a theme song from Doug? No. Not too dissimilar, but... Mila Jovovich? Yeah. I'm finding this really hard. I, I genuinely want to contribute to this, but I'm finding this really hard. 
Um, RuPaul. Um, who? I know who RuPaul is. I don't know who your Paul Reiser. I know who Paul Reiser is. I don't have a celebrity crush on him. I do think he's excellent in the movie Alien. Ryder Strong. Aliens. Sorry, the second one. What? Ryder Strong. Who's Ryder Strong? Uh, he plays. Uh, I, what was his name from? Sean. Sean from Boy Meets World. Uh, my, if I have a celebrity crush, it won't be on a man. Uh, I have a, I have female celebrity crushes. Um, well, that, maybe I don't understand how these work. I don't know. Who do you want to go? This feels like this is a question we don't need to validate. Yeah. Jennifer Aniston, huh? I mean, I think Jennifer Aniston is extremely funny. She's great on Friends. She's really underrated in terms of her comic, her natural comic timing is great. Um, but if I was going to have a crush on any of the Friends, it would be Phoebe. It would be Phoebe. Lisa Yeah. Do you watch the comeback? I need to watch the new one. I haven't seen the new one yet. I, I want to. Re- I haven't had time to rewatch the old one first. I'm in the middle of season one right now. Yeah. Great. I love it. But I want to rewatch the first season before I watch the second season because I haven't seen it since it was originally on. I should have done that. I didn't. I just jumped into season two. I feel have like I need the a therapy session after every episode. That's good, right? It's it's very good, but it's just so uncomfortable to watch. Yeah. Um, very good, Joe. Why do I struggle so much with this one? I think I find it embarrassing. I think I find it embarrassing to talk about. Um, yeah. Why is that? I don't know. What's wrong? You guys are real comfortable. You always, you always dodge relationship talk. Yeah. Do you have any real life crushes? You don't have to say them. Um, I mean, even the fact that I paused them, probably, even if I were to say no at the end of that, it would not be plausible. Hmm. We can move on to Nothing subject. actionable, no. So for all intents and purposes, no. Um, well, that's not how crushes work. What do you mean? It's not like an actionable. It's like you like people that you'll probably probably not yeah. be actionable. Um, well, but then they're just brain garbage. They're just brain garbage. I'm sure they'd like to know that. No, no. Oh, you're my, not, oh hey. You're my brain garbage. You know, you're my brain garbage. No, I think they'd rather hear that than like, hey, here's a useless, here's a useless fact. You're saying you think they'd rather hear, hey, you're brain garbage than, hey, I have a crush on you? Yes. Really? No, it's, no. That, it's not that they are brain garbage, it's that the crush itself is brain garbage because it's useless. I think it's nice. Even even when people that I don't have interest in have told me that they don't like me, I appreciate it. Yeah. I go, I go, that's very sweet of you. That's awesome. I don't think I want that uh-huh. at this moment. Yeah. But... Then I've had that, and that's been my... But it's, I think... It's, Oh, so awesome that you said that. It means so much to me. That generally makes my day. Mm-hmm. I think you're great. The fact that you like me means a lot to me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I'm sort of like that. Uh, it's it's I, uncomfortable usually for them because they think it's uncomfortable for you. Mm-hmm. But I've always I've always found it flattering even if it's yeah. someone that I 
Um, I think, uh, for me, I think it would be processed as uh, unwelcome new information. Um, like you'd say it and they'd go, no. No, 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 no. No, but on a visceral level, they would feel that. They wouldn't say it because they'd be polite people, but on a... Uh, I think it would be one of those things where it would be like, um, the chubby baby oh, Patrick Cotner hey. just walked in. Patrick Cotner's here. We just talked about him, and now he's appeared. Which, if if that's true, who knows how many of the people we just talked about will show up? Lady Gaga, Tony Bennett, Taylor Swift. Oh no. Um. What time is it? 10.58. Shall we go to the grocery store? We should go to the grocery store. And then, to the beast? Yeah. Let's do it. We have to grab stuff for the screening. Oh, yeah. I'll steal that back. Thank you, Orlando. You're coming to the screening, I take it, right? Yeah. Good. Yeah. Reminisce about the tree lighting. He's still there today. Still lighting that tree? Yeah. More lights. Turn it on. Is that true? Oh. Uh, um, of course it's automated. Yeah, it has to be some automated. But I would have loved that visual of just one of you taking the subway to work and then going, get that, and then walking back. I'll see it. We'll see you at the screening. Sorry if I made you uncomfortable. Hey Pat, hello. How are you? Good. Happy holidays to you. We're in the middle of recording Twelve Hour Day, so you're on the podcast. I apologize. I thought you would my mental thing. I thought you would wrapped up by this time. We that was the plan. That was the plan. We didn't do it. Yeah. Okay. No need to apologize. We're glad to have you on the podcast. Okay. Well, glad to be here. Yeah, but I was walking by to do some to go. I'll just stop and say hello. All right. Well, we'll see you in We're heading to the grocery store. We're gonna go to the grocery store get some snacks. Cool. I bought candy canes and like some like a various candy thing, possibly little individual candy. So, so you know, we have those. All right. Excellent. Okay. We'll grab some other stuff. We'll see you guys in a bit. Good to see you, Pat. Yes. Thank you for. I want to follow Pat Bear on Tumblr, not Twitter, or both, or both. I like Pat. Yeah. I'll see you guys at the screen. All right. Now we're back out on the streets. Streets of New York, baby, 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 baby. Streets of New York, baby, 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 baby. Song. It's the streets of New York, cause I'm baby, 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 baby. Streets of New York, cause I'm baby gone. My baby left me in the streets of LA. I told her I was going to stay, but I didn't. I got on a plane, but I made my way to the mother. End of song. Alright, uh, remixers. Wait, this isn't the wrong, this is that. Yeah. Uh, remixers, we hope you will uh, take what JD just sang. Work your magic on it. Not even remixers. I just want people to cover that song. Yeah, if you can cover that song, that's the ideal. Also, if you play an Should instrument we get, and you want to auto-tune that and... Should we get a bunch of these tiny cupcakes? Yeah, I think so. That's probably the best bet, right? That's a great bet. We should walk through the whole store and see what our options <laughs> well, are. What would be the other options? Well, I mean... 
Oh, good. So, uh, organics? Nuts. <laughs> okay. Uh, Chestnuts? Red, red cherries? <laughs> Disgusting. <Yeah. laughs> oh, God. Um, <laughs> That's like your nightmare, I feel like. Yeah. Um, we also, if someone like wants to auto-tune your version of it and play guitar and add keyboards and stuff to it, that would also be welcome, right? Um... Oh yeah, ice cream. Yeah, good, good idea. God, Connor. JD is taking it, uh, the opportunity to criticize me just for walking through aisles and happening yeah. as if me, pure me, juice, pure me, juice, pure juice. Um, this is such a Connor thing. What walking through a grocery store? Oh, let's walk through the entire grocery store just to check. Um, oh, live cereal. It's good at the dot. Well, I hear Malto Meal brand, Raisin Bran, and their guarantee is love it or it's free. We could buy all of this raisin ram. Hate it, get it provide for free. Provide it, provide it, and sure. then. Um, I admit it. I do like walking through grocery stores. Yeah, it's uh, the second time we've done it on the podcast, at least. At least, and I'll do it again. I won't. I'm done from here on out. Wait for the rest of our lives. Yeah, I'm never going to grocery store again. If you ever see J.D. Amato in a grocery store... It's not him. Kill whoever that is. <laughs> J.D. has just given the kill order <laughs> for anyone who you think is J.D., but it's not him. That is that not is a, me. There, a, there, are a, there are a number of robots masquerading as me, and if they are walking through a grocery store, you would know it is not me, because I will not step foot in one. So if you see me in a grocery store, you must kill me. Uh, you heard it here. That's an exclusive on this podcast. Is that the first kill order that's been given on this podcast? Ah, uh, probably. What do you think about this marzipan? Uh, I hate it. Almond candy dough. We can make our own shaped candies. Mm, you couldn't do that. Right? What do you got to do? Cook Let's it? get the number seven. A candle from the number seven. Um, what if we just offered to squirt honey, honey? from Mabel's mouth? <laughs> And for a little after after dinner if, snack, open up and we'll give you a squirt of honey. Do, we'll just say if anyone's willing, we'll like empty this honey thing into your mouth. But yeah. you have to be willing to take it all. <laughs> take I the hate it. Honey I challenge? hate it. I hate it. You hear that Christmas music playing? Yeah. Did you email ahead? Yeah. Good. I said make sure it's appropriate. Uh, can we can we hand out whole black peppers? Of course we can, JD. Or creamy butter. <laughs> well, would you rather take the honey challenge or the creamy butter challenge? Oh, shut up. I don't want to talk about this. I don't feel great right now. Oh, I shit. ate too quickly. <laughs> no, we're not going to hand out ravioli. What? Were you, th did, were you excited because that's ravioli you want? Maybe. For home? Uh, they didn't have the kind I wanted. No. Oh, here's your drink. Sparkling ice. Sparkling ice, we have a whole display here. Let's see if they have any new ones. There haven't been any new ones for a while, but they do have a pretty good range of them here. I've been drinking less sparkling ice and more seltzer lately. That's good. So ever ever going to go for just water? What do you mean? Still water? Yeah, I drink that. But plain seltzer is essentially the same. Okay. Um, I mean, sparkling ice is zero calories, but I feel like seltzer is a little bit healthier, maybe. 
Let's look at the yogurts. That'll be a good thing to give out. Well, you never know. You never know. Like, we can give out eggnog. <coughs> you want to give out some eggnog? Yeah. We can give soy milk, eggnog, soy nog, silk Oh, nog. let's give... Chorizos? I'm, yeah, I'm not, I don't feel... You don't feel like eggnog? I mean, I'm just, like I said, I ate a little too quickly. <clears throat> so I'm feeling a little uh, punky. Okay, um... So the idea of guzzling eggnog is not <laughs> off my list. Okay, Jeff sent us this. He said, two buttons, you must choose one of these buttons, or else all of your male friends will experience a testicular torsion tonight. Oof, okay. So you have to press... Pressing, pressing the button A will cause you, for the next six years, to have four times the connection you have with everybody in your life, meaning okay. all the actual qualities of connection you have uniquely with that person will be amplified and experienced three times more than they are now. This okay. will manifest in the most mundane moments of interaction all the way to the most significant. Do you understand that one? Okay, yeah, got it. Pressing button B will mean that once a month for the next three years, you can mentally choose one friend or acquaintance, and that night, when asleep, you have an extremely vivid dream in which you will experience, mainly through intense metaphor, how they have been most recently experiencing you in their lives. B. Because it's more otherworldly, right? Uh, no, I do because A, I think, could cause a lot of problems. Oh, because the experiences you're having will include negative ones? Yeah, but also the positive ones, like... I'm thinking of people that like, you know, I've been in relationships with or that I'm friends with. You know what I mean? It's like if that's all multiplied, then it's like there's a lot of confused emotions. Yeah. You know what I mean? How many should we get? Three? One, two, three, four, five, six, six twelve. Not everyone's going to want a cupcake. No, we should get more than three. You think more than three? We should get like five. Or should we mix cupcakes and cookies? There's also cookies here. Let's just get cupcakes. Just make it nice and simple. But variety is the spice of life. Oh, no. No, but I feel like it sets up too many weird expectations with the cookies and... Let's just get cupcakes. All right. You just want to get Christmas ones? Yeah. Let's get five and we'll give the left, left over to the... Uh, how much are they each? Three dollars each. Perfect. We'll give the left over to the staff. Pretty. What about pies? That's weird. A bean pie? A savory pie? <laughs> Should we self-check out? Three dollars. Uh, they're all. These are. Looks like that's all they have right now. Two dollars. Nine nine nine. Six. Ninety nine. Six. Ninety nine. Six. Three. Ninety nine. Six. Connor. I'll get this. Just put them all in one thing. Okay. Uh, together. Together. Empty yours. I got it. Let me throw a little bit your way. Chatter. Uh, credit. 
Where? There? Oh. Thank you. It's probably too much. Oh, perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Get a bird bell? Should we get a bird bell? What's that? Should we get a bird bell? Uh, yeah, let's get ten. In case the bird comes to the screen. Was there a deal on those? Bird bells? No, those these cupcakes. Why? We got five, and they're two ninety nine each, and our total was fourteen twenty something. Oh, then there must have been some sort of deal. Yeah. Because otherwise, it should have been over fifteen. Yeah. Well, what are you going to do? Fight. With who? The world. Why? Because I'm tired. All right. So now we're going into UCB East. We'll see what happens. Is that a grand entrance? Yeah. Oh. That's very dramatic. <laughs> I have to use the restroom. Alright. I'm going to leave everything up here? Yeah. I don't know what our battery situation is. Should we move towards an outlet? Yeah. Let's move towards the outlet. I'll fix that show we'll get out and he'll be. People everywhere. Shit. Phone fell apart. your phone? Yeah. Yeah. And now it's ruined. Hey, when that happens. Get this to you. So I'm gonna yeah. use frequency downstairs. Okay. Feel free to gift it to anybody. Well, JD's going downstairs, and I'm gonna stay up here and see what happens. I'm gonna try charging my phone a little bit while it's going crazy. Uh, we're here at UCBs. We're nearing, this is, we're in the final throes of this episode. I'm trying to think what the major themes of this one have been. Um, I don't know if I have an answer to that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, here, Kitty, come on over. Can I talk on this? Yeah, Kitty Healy Warsberg here. I'm going to give her a microphone. Hi. Hi, what are, what are you guys doing here? Um, we were just having a meeting about... Um, we, uh, women and other minorities representation in the UC. You guys are a majority. Physically, yes, but in power, not so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how do we fix that? Um, through more Collective, representation. action. Yep. Uh, destroying, smashing the patriarchy. Yeah. Uh, Ouch. Well, I mean, That's, the patriarchy negatively affects everyone. It does. Not just women. Uh, guys cause a lot of problems in the world. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's like part of the problem is like the system that tells men that it's okay to do that, you know? Yeah. Like it's like, I, I, I choose to put a lot of 
Like, bye, have a good night. Um, we just found out we went to the same college. What college? Hamilton College. Hamilton, named yeah. after a man. Yeah, yep. Uh, founded by another man. Oh, yeah. You can't get away from it. Can't get away. They're fucking gonna, everywhere. How are you going to smash it? Um, by talking about it, Talk. like, too much. People don't like it. Who doesn't like it? Everyone. They want me to shut up. But I won't. I just handed you a microphone. That's true. That's true. But of course, a man had to hand it. <laughs> yeah, a exactly. Right? Exactly. Well, that's called allyship. Allyship? Yeah. Can you be a good ally? <laughs> yes. And one of the ways to be a good ally is by shutting up and giving people like a place to stand. And I don't mean that in an aggressive way. Yeah. It's something that I have to remind myself as like a white lady. Yeah. To like you're speaking from your privilege. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And like to give people who don't whose voices aren't represented a place to you know have their voice yep would you describe me as one of the good ones (laughs) (laughs) um like i know that was a joke but also like yeah all right i I think so but also i try my best but also i'm pretty it's important to be aware of your own privilege and constantly be trying to dismantle it which other people with privilege find frustrating oh i'm constantly falling apart does that count Falling apart? Oh, on a personal level? Uh, I think that counts. But one of the things to keep in mind, too, is that, like, the capitalist system that we're in right now, they also want you to be falling apart so you buy more shit. Oh, I love shopping. I do, too. I mean, I'm saying this right now. Like, it's important to, like, not do as much shopping. But then I just went shopping. When I say it... When yeah. I say it, it's a subversive thing to say. Yeah. But when you say it, you're playing in the old stereotypes about women loving shopping. Oh, that's true. You know but it's mean? like, but also, you shouldn't I shouldn't say that anymore. No but I, I say can it. say it because of I'm, course, I'm. I have no right to stop you. It's not that. That's, yeah. <laughs> I agree. You don't have any right to start stop me. But at the same time, it's like there's like this kind of. Um, I think it's like a second wave feminist yeah. thing to be like, okay, we won't have anything to do with femininity, femininity at all. Right. Like anything that's stereotypically that's women, I right? Like your classic second wave. But it's like, here's the thing. I fucking love makeup. I also love Douglas so Adams and Star wave. Trek. Third wave. No, third wave is like really transphobic. Fourth wave. Like fourth wave. Yeah, yeah, fourth wave. Because third wave was like super transphobic and did like a lot of like genuine damage to like uh, the phrase radical feminism is like a fun one, but also a lot of radical feminists were like. Like trans women aren't real women, and like like Wait, they just want to be men. She was good. Okay. She was good. She was all set. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. We don't have to kill all well, of our heroes. Here's the, just so. well, here's the thing that I was thinking about yeah. recently, and I don't know if I'm generalizing, uh-huh. but I don't think I am. Which I was just I was thinking about the fact I was thinking with all the Cosby stuff that's been happening. Oh lately, my god! And I was thinking like, well. I started bracing myself for like who else? Like mm-hmm. I know who else right? is a secret monster? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I was and, having this conversation. And the ones that I couldn't imagine, like I can imagine that, like with any person that you admire who's famous, you yeah. can imagine maybe there. You want it to be Tom Hanks? You oh, want no, it to be Tom no, Hanks? No, I don't. You do? No, I don't. Do a little bit. I don't want to interrupt. You. Yeah. Who do you think? Who do you think? Who do you think? Is? Oh no, I'm not going to say it. No, no, no. I don't have oh, a guess. Okay, you I don't, don't have, have to a, cop to it. I don't. Have, I have a negative guess. I have a. I have a thing where I thought it. I occurred to me. I'm like. Well, if Cosby could be someone who was yeah. like everyone's favorite and beloved by everyone, and also everyone and, fucking knew, and everyone, and well, like enough. That's people, what's like horrible to me. It's uh, got to uh, be somebody who is a little bit old school, sort of came up in the mainstream. Here's I the mean, thing: I think I think it's just fucking. Mono. I mean, oh yeah, I mean probably, probably. I mean, I, I wouldn't be a shock. But see that that wouldn't be surprising to me at all. That that wouldn't be surprising to me. What would be surprising? So the thing that I think is like really insidious and fucking shitty about Cosby is that he's must be a sociopath, right? 
because one of his things is making us think that he's this wonderful person who we owe a lot to. And that was like part of his predatorship, like Vikmer. Right. Yeah, exactly. That's right. like a fucking predator. Yes. Well, so, he, but also a sociopath. But I was thinking. Like, they're also sociopaths, probably. I was thinking, like, oh, well, I have to be braced for pretty much anybody. And I was trying to think of, like, who would be people about it. And the people that I couldn't imagine. Like, with any famous person, you can imagine that there'd be things about them you don't know that might be negative traits. Sure. But. There will 100% be that. Everybody has yes. that. Because everybody's got things that they've and done we're wrong. And bad things like that. Yeah. But at this level, where it's like, oh, they're potentially a monstrous person. Yeah. It was hard for me to imagine. Uh, like Amy Poehler or Tina yeah, Fey. No, and I was like, it's a lot easier for me to imagine any guy comedian that I admire mm -hmm. possibly being that than it is for me to imagine. Oh, that's really interesting. And I don't know if that's me making a, a, a gender stereotype like a, yeah, in the yeah, opposite yeah, like direction. Yeah, yeah, like a sexist one, yeah. But it was harder for me to imagine it. It was just like... See, it's funny because you'd think that women who are like sociopaths and manipulative would be would have a better chance of getting that that far but at the same time I don't I genuinely don't think either of them are but I'm also I'm also in the camp where I don't want to believe about anybody that, so yeah it's definitely one of those things, and I think that's one of the things that caused yeah. the benefit from it is that nobody wanted to like no. even when you heard murmurs of it yeah I had never heard, and I literally spent all of my time on Tumblr reading about fucking rape culture, and I had never heard a goddamn thing until Hannibal did his yeah. comedy stuff about it, and I had no... Is that I fucking crazy? I had heard about allegations, but I hadn't heard... I had heard I hadn't nothing. heard with any specificity of any. I heard about... Oh. And there were literally settled, fucking like lawsuits and all that. Uh, a friend of mine's dad were, as, um, is an uh, entertainment journalist yeah. and has been for like 25 years. And when it became public, she kind of went to him and she was like, is this a thing that people knew? And he just thought everyone knew. The National Enquirer knew. They, and it was just and like... they traded and, for an interview. Yeah, National and Enquirer it just paper. fucking, just always fucking pushed off to the side, which is upsetting. I'm sorry, I'm swearing a lot, but no, I do right. in real life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's yeah, it, it's very. It's hard when you want to try to think the best of people, and especially when it's people yeah. that you admire. Yeah. Uh, people who are very gifted at one yeah. thing, and people who are very charismatic. Yeah. Who also seem to be using their power for good. Yeah. You know, like it's um, really, and because like I think that's the thing about Cosby too is that he used a lot of his power for good in like supporting Temple University and other historically black colleges, and like I mean I think he did really negative, damaging stuff too in terms of like black American culture and yeah. like telling like young people to like fucking pull their pants up and shit. But like, yeah, I mean that's that's there's no way that that's not damaging. And then there's and then it also but, makes me question sometimes when there's people who have really negative public images yeah. that you wonder whether it's whether whether or not they're just not good at controlling yeah. they're the They're just shittier sociopaths. Or no, no, just that maybe that in some cases the people who get piled on yeah. maybe just aren't playing the game. Oh, and, yeah, like, yeah, I see. I know stories about, I know like at least one story about like Sean Penn that's not a public oh, no. story. Oh, that's like. But he's also but, a wife beater. Yeah. Which like he a, literally beat Madonna like yeah. senseless. Yeah. He's not a good person. Yeah. Oh, I know that. Uh, but I've also Somewhere heard stories that have not been publicized about yeah. how he is professionally with people yeah. that were positive stories that yeah. weren't publicized. Yeah. That it's like, it makes you, I'm more oh. skeptical about people who, he's got a negative public image generally. I don't know that he does. I mean, I think he it's, a, it's not, it's person. not, yeah, I don't think it's as positive yeah. as like Cosby was because his was like, 
Sean Pendon? He talk, he like, but he's also like, he has that kind of like, uh, I'm difficult to work with right. kind of actor vibe. Yeah. You know, like Vincent and But I, but I, also, I weirdly get, I'm more skeptical about people who have a bad reputation than some people who have a great reputation. Oh, okay. In part because, it, and it's not me being like paranoid or anything, but there's yeah. these things of like, how much work it is to project a really positive public sure. image. Yeah, yeah, like I don't trust who, like Tom Cruise's. Like his, yeah. that kind of thing is like, I don't trust it really. Like I don't think it's all, I don't think it's all coming from nothing. But at the same time, if I met him, I think I would get like a really like, okay, no thanks. Yeah, it's bye. So, it's so no hard, thank you, bye. It's so hard to know when people have like public images. It's so yeah. hard to know because if you're not in that person's life and have yeah. like... And it's, it's separate from them almost entirely. Yeah. Not just by figures. Yeah, yeah that's true. Uh, yeah, when you think of the number of times when things were unveiled about someone and it's like, no one in town knew this thing and it was happening. Have and you guys watched... Like, oh, well, three people knew or yeah. ten people knew, but they didn't believe it. Or, Have you guys watched Transparent? No, it's the Amazon show. Um, um, so I, I uh, the old instant. I like did like a trial of Prime. Yeah. Um, I thought the the show was like really good in a lot of ways. Um, I was like, I, I heard a lot of like frustration in that, like they didn't cast like a trans person in like the role that Jeffrey Tambor has, yeah. which I think is accurate. Um, and I'm not gonna say like because this is like an article written by trans people. Right, like right. I'm not gonna be like, no, you can have that opinion. Of course you can have that opinion. Yeah. And I think it's valid in a lot of ways. I do think he was really great in the role. He's a good actor. And there's also um, and, and there's also the the aspect of getting a show actually made yeah. that him yeah. him like, being lead is part of the reason like, he was able he was to the get lead. Made. Absolutely. And it's Amazon, that's a whole different thing. That, but like still and they also like most many of the other big characters I'd are trans ten, people. You know, it's also a thing where like as progress happens ten years down the line. Uh, yeah, it'll be, be crazy. What? It'll be crazy that Jeffrey Chimer played It'll be crazy that, that he did it, yeah. and it'll, but there'll also be more viable actors yeah. who'll be like, oh, you can carry this show and you're trans. Yeah, you're like, yeah, yeah. Is, yeah. And I totally agree, and I think that's entirely accurate. Yeah. However, my point about that show is that those... The people were horrible in it. Not Mora, not T Jeffrey Tambor's character. Yeah. The whole family was so L.A. And they just kept doing things to hurt one another constantly. Right. And I'm watching it, and I just, I had this a really hard time connecting with those people because I was like, I don't end up hurting my friends and family with every, I don't make, I make choices to actively not hurt people. Yeah, and just because, like, and I guess because they're so selfish, and I'm, like, a fucking selfish person, mm -hmm. um, but I, I had a, I was like, are really, are really, are people really like that? Are people really constantly making those, yeah. those decisions that are so bad for the other people in their lives that they profess to care about, or their family, and they don't necessarily have to care about them? But like, I, I don't know. Yeah. I had a hard time connecting with it, and then I felt like maybe I was like a bad human for not because you don't. You were a bad human because you didn't relate to a show about people. But you I, were I was horrible. like, I felt like I was like missing out on some element of like human experience that maybe. And I know it's crazy to think this is one fucking piece of media yeah. in an well, overwhelming. Also, there are you different. Know, there are different shows that have your like. Uh, I've been been watching Parenthood, mm -hmm. and that's a show that is Laura Gilmore is very much about you growing to like these characters, mm -hmm. and whatever flaws there might be in the show itself, yeah. are almost for me beside the point because I relate 
to the feelings these characters have yeah. so much. Because they're so real? Um, there's just something about it that feels like it's people who are trying their best yeah. that I relate to. Yes. Um, See, I think that's the thing. Transparent. They're, like, not trying their hardest. I guess maybe I just don't like shows like that. But then that's different than, like, an Aaron Sorkin show, which is about a certain kind of person who's yeah. aspirational in some way, which yeah. is, like, a different vibe. And then there's yeah. a show like Mad Men where a lot of the characters are... I, in the first season of that, I had a similar reaction to Mad Men where yeah. I was like, I initially did not connect to the show because I thought all these characters are unlikable yeah. and I'm just watching a sour era of yeah. history being yeah. unveiled. Yeah. And then there was an episode that had to do with... It was a flashback to like Don Draper's childhood and it was revealing what I thought the thing, a lot the theme of the show is, which is yeah. about that our biggest fear is that we'll reveal who we are and yeah. then that will be rejected by other people. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, now I get the show. Sure. And, and maybe that's not what the show's about, but that's what it was about to me. Yeah. So it may be that, Which is like, valid. Uh, and then there's people who can't watch, show. like, there's also people who can't watch, like, cringe comedy, who, like, if they watch like, yeah. a Larry Sanders show, they're like, I can't, it's yeah. too uncomfortable. I actually just watched the Steve Coogan movie. Did you watch that? Did you Which post one? about that? The most recent one that they made, like... The Trip to Italy? No. Oh, no, no, no. Um, sorry. Uh, Al, 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 Alan Partridge? Um, yeah, the new yeah. Alan Partridge movie. Did you like it? Uh, I loved it. It's great. And it was like, that was the first Alan Partridge that I've been able to sit through. Yeah. Um, it's, or, ma or make it all the way through. Because I, I really like Steve Coogan, but I've never like connected with it's that. It's a very, um, the character's in a place right now where it's a much yes. easier, it, it's a little bit lighter. Yeah. But with it, but still staying true to the character. Bananas. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it, you know what it is? Is like When he climbed out the window, as, I, I left like for probably 10 minutes straight. As the character has gotten older, he's yeah. softened in some yes. areas. I, I assume And uh, it's sort of like the thing that happens sometimes with people's grandparents. Which is that they get older and they soften in certain yes. things. Yeah, and yeah, not yeah. everybody's grandparents, but like I remember, I like my grandma when my when uh, my sisters adopted, and my grandma didn't like that. <gasps> and no. and but as but my sister loved my grandma. Yeah. And uh, was, were you old enough to like know that? Yeah, and I actually oh, got, I got I got like. She did things like, and my mom was always having to push against this. Like yeah. she did things like, she would noticeably get me a better Christmas present than she got oh Brian. And when I noticed that, I sort of had a pulling away oh, from no. it. Like yeah. I didn't like it. Yeah. Brian was too young to really notice it. That's good. And Brian was such a great grandchild. Brian was a better grandchild than I was, I think. And she's a cute little girl. And my grandma also didn't like my mom initially. Like yes. she told my mom. She didn't like her because she was a Catholic and a foreigner. <laughs> and this was during like a period of a few weeks when, Great. right after my parents got married, my dad had to go somewhere. And he was like out of town for a job, and my mom had to stay with her for like oh weeks. My and there was just them alone no. in a new country. And oh my um, gosh. And so. I knew that my Nana didn't like my mom, and but, my Nana was my mom's mom. But, <laughs> but and as. I could tell that. As, like as a kid, that's, that's a betrayal. Did she soften as no, she got? She died. Okay. It doesn't happen there, but she my grandma died, did soften as she got a little older. I think she started noticing that, like, she doted on me and my dad. Yeah. Initially, didn't like my mom. Wasn't crazy about having an adopted granddaughter. Did she realize how sexist it was? But my mom and my sister were both like better to my grandmother than my dad. And I were. <laughs> yeah. We were fine, but we were just being who we were. They were yeah. like actively like did things that were nicer. Yeah. And as my grandma got older, you could just tell she was like noticed it. And yeah. Got a little bit softer. Like, That's there's good. a part of it that thinks that, like, if she lived a hundred more years, that 
everything would have gotten better. That she would have been more tolerant. That's and a really like long that. period of time. Your sister would have become her favorite grandchild, and she would have spurned oh, you. It, the and arc the of it. The, there wasn't enough time. There yeah. wasn't enough time for that to happen. But the arc of it was going that way. Yeah, but a hundred years is a long time for someone to become totally nice. No, no. But I right. If, I if you like imagine, that, if you imagine that. that comfortably, elderly people okay. could uh, you don't want to make them go get, too fast. Could get an extra hundred years. Aww. That'd be enough time for like. I worry about like what are the things that I have because I'm sure I have them that yeah. will become intolerable to younger generations when sure. I'm an old person. Yeah, like yeah. the casual racism of my grandmother and Aunt Arlie uh, was like embarrassing to me. Like they were when they were in like assisted living facilities yeah. and stuff like that, and they would just openly say horrible things about uh, the people who work there and you just uh, try to correct for it as best yeah, you can but you can't they're already in their 80s and there's nothing yeah, they yeah. can do about it yeah um, maybe your use of faux fur because it creates more of a market for real fur i don't know just throwing that out there you think this is faux i was that was my next question uh lady coke no, but uh, just like uh, how science is going to create vegan uh, non-meat uh, that feels yeah. like meat, you think yeah. that'll create more de- demand for real meat? Um, no, but it's not cachet. It's not marketed based on cachet. And like fur is like, or like what you wear is like gimmick. Yeah. But I think now... Are you calling I think me now, a trendsetter? Yes. One, yes. No, With, I'm saying you're behind the fence. With Lady Coke, oh, yeah. definitely a trendsetter. Yeah. But I think I think now it's cash now it's cool to have like faux fur. Like if you have real fur, it's like, ugh, what's your problem? Well among our set. Yeah. I mean I do I just moved to Lenox Hill, which is like full of fucking rich old white people, and I saw I counted five fur coats today. Like long fur co- and I, I like always had lived in other less shitty places, I guess. Um, and I was just like, ew, you're so gross. But I do think animal rights is like the next frontier of rights. Yeah, next, definitely. The next battle. I feel like we should sort out all the human stuff first. <laughs> maybe, maybe I think, but I think there's a point there in that caring about a thing that doesn't have the ability to advocate for its own rights yeah. is something that can soften humans in return. You know what I mean? I like think that's still the case for a lot of humans, though. So. Yeah, but, but I, I mean, I think that's that's a really, maybe an optimistic like take on it. Yeah. Um, I feel like we're probably the last generation that will die. Have you guys talked about that? That like the next generation, the next generation won't die? like if if we don't like have oh, a like, horrible apocalypse and like we lose you mean, all like, technology, like all these fucking one on one students now. Um, no, I think no. I think like maybe like the people our age who are having kids now, like that, je- like technology will exist to the point that either their consciousness or their physical bodies will continue with like implants, and we'll just be like, wait, oh shit, we gotta die. I think we will either be. The last generation to die, or the last generation to die of old age. Yeah. Oh yeah, they'll die of something else. I feel like. Oh, wouldn't it be something if we were the last generation to die of old age, but the next generation all died because of our mistakes? <laughs> that's what it would be. Yeah. yeah. That's what. It, that's what it legitimately I think will be. Yeah. Is that we die of old age? They have all the technology, and then fucking. Yeah. Our bullshit kills everybody. They have the everybody. technology to live together, but not on a lava planet. Or yeah, or yeah yeah. They have the technology that they could have lived together. They could have lived forever under the current circumstances. Yeah. But not under the... under. Yeah. 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 We just didn't care. Well, what if they all have to choose suicide? Like, what if they all choose suicide and not in a culty, mass suicide way, but in a, in a heartbreaking, cinematic way? 
I don't think it'll be that heartbreak romantic. I think it'll be that would be like one of the most grotesque scenes in the history of humanity. Yeah, yeah. We're talking about Star Trek. We talked about Star Trek a lot today. Um, well, we're okay. specifically talking about Next Generation. Yes, that's what yeah. we're talking about. So the episode. The I got a question episode. for you in a second. Okay. Second episode with um, Moriarty, right? A uh, villain that Data invents to, or like, basically programs to be like someone who can be him. Right. He's like an android and essentially like hyper intelligent, beyond hyper intelligent. So in the second episode with Moriarty, played by the Butler from uh, what's it called? Uh, Downton Abbey. No, no. Um, um, uh, na- the nanny. So oh yeah, right. Yeah, uh, yeah. Exactly. Um, There's a butler on the nanny. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Was, was, His name was uh, a butler name. Definitely a butler name. G G G James. G G. Not Jeeves, but it was like. Some, but something like that. It was like James. No, something Je- like that. not Jeffrey. That's Sheffield. Sheffield. Mr. Sheffield was the name of the guy. Um, I don't remember. But anyway, so Moriarty, um, in the second episode, where it's like two seasons later, he basically figures out a way to leave the holodeck, because he's an invention of the holodeck. He can't leave, but he know, he's aware of it. So basically, he's trapped knowing that he's not a real creature, even though he has the agency and awareness to know that he's trapped, basically. Um, and then he creates a companion for himself. I, I don't even think she's named Irene Adler, which is too bad. But anyway, um, essentially his Irene Adler. And then he basically figures out this whole way to get her, um, figures out a system to transport her off of the holodeck too. Right. And then they take a, a shuttle and they just fly away and they go on adventures. And right. it's revealed that they never actually left the holodeck. Right. And that the whole thing is like being pro- is held on this like little thing. Um, and Data says something very sweet, or actually it's Jordy, and it's like, this has enough memory that they'll be able to explore the universe forever. And it's this big fucking block of wood, or like block of like fucking plaster or whatever. And nowadays, like, there's just like this concept of like what memory storage was in like the mid 90s. Um, but that's something I think about constantly, honestly, is like, so later in one of the movies, in the first movie, uh, the Enterprise is destroyed, and I'm always worried, like, what happened to that box with Moriarty and oh, it's his, like, It's in the woods. Like, but does it run into power? Do they fucking realize that they're actually still stuck in the goddamn holodeck and they never actually, like, this idea that they, like, think that they're free, but they're actually stuck living this, like, false kind of... <laughs> Like, I mean, that was like Just like humans, man. Yeah, but Tamari, that was like his thing that he hated so much, and then like it's true for him. But I think about that too often for like a two episode arc on Star Trek: The Next Generation. I, I tell you what, though, I I that crash with the Enterprise is really cool. Yeah. That's really exciting. They separate the saucers. Yeah. They always wanted to have it happen on the show, and they never did. So. Yeah. Uh, the, my question is this. This is a shipper question. Okay. But I was saying it bothered me a lot. I really liked in the last seasons of Next Generation yeah. when they decided to have Troy and yes. Worf. Yes! They should have stayed together. I totally agree. And then there's no reference There's no reference to in the yeah. first movie, and then the second movie opens with the marriage of Riker and Troy. What happened? Totally bullshit. Um, just because Riker was directing it and he wanted it to happen. That's Patty. I'm not really Riker, but you know what I mean. Everyone tweeted Jonathan Frakes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Why'd you do it? Hashtag freaks out. Well, that's because at that point, Worf was married to Jadzia Dax. Um, yeah. That's what? Jadzia Dax. He got married on um, Tuesday's Nine. Yeah. Um, by the time they made... Yes. And actually, Jadzia first might, have been de- might have been dead by that point. Jadzia got killed because she wanted to go do uh, fucking Becker on CBS. Still running. Yeah. <laughs> it's, not, it's not. Becker got canceled? No, not got canceled. Got canceled like right, six tweet, years ago. Tweet at CBS. Bring back Becker. Why'd you cancel it? Just finding out. Hashtag, hashtag just finding out. And then someone would be like, hashtag spoiler alert. Yeah, DS9 pulled in a lot of the really good Star Trek yeah. Storylines. I didn't. You still haven't watched it, and I've been trying I to convince you. I have watched some of these Space Nine, but I fell off at one point. Me too, no, it's me you. Too. You have to. Uh, you have to. You have to give up at like season four or five. Yeah, it just I gets think that's fucking bad. Like yeah, and it just got so like with the Dominion and all that. Like the Dominion. It got so complicated. And, stuff, and I was like, what the fuck is happening? Once the big battle happens, which is one of the best space battles yeah. ever. Yeah. When they're like, it's happening. Yeah, and, and like. They actually originally yes. in first contact with Defiant gets destroyed, and they and actually Adam Scott plays uh, one of the helmsmen on the Defiant. Yeah, I think he gets murdered, but I like he looks so young. Um, but when I was rewatching it, and they were originally just going to destroy the Defiant, have it blow up, and then finally the DCO side writing staff had to be like, "Can you not do that? Because it's like the only thing we have right. that doesn't not move ever." And they're like, "Oh yeah, okay, fine." So they added like one line, like the Defiant's fine, but we'll see her so we can have right. adventures. But that one battle is one of the best battles, yeah. and then after that, it gets so complicated and boring. And, and then they have all the episodes with like the kid wanting to be a writer, and he's actually it's like really dumb. It's another. It's another. It's another thing where yeah they have Jake, and space baseball right Jake Cisco is like the captain's son yeah. but because it happened over many years he goes from being a kid to like an adult like he yeah. becomes like six four and is like Jack and then but he's still acting like he's like twelve where his dad's like <laughs> his dad's like Jake you got to do your homework and he's like but dad I don't want to do homework. actually he's yeah. more he's more like dad, dad I don't want to do homework and you're like you giant are taller pencil. than him now. Yeah. But then his his friend, I'm a grown man. his friend who plays the like kid Ferengi yeah. doesn't grow. So yeah, the kid Ferengi really stays tiny. like four feet Who's tall. And he's the like the best Ferengi character in your opinion. Um, Nog, I think. Nog? Yeah. Are you just saying that because it's the holiday season? No, because Nog yeah, is the Nog. Nog is, the best. That is true. Nog is the. He's the least Ferengi of all the Ferengi, which is I guess. And he's the dad of the kid. Yeah. He's the dad. And he's like this genius that all the friends are like, you are an idiot. And yeah. he's truly Yeah, like, he's really the smart one. The smart one who, and he fucking, there's a great moment in DS9 yeah. where he saves everyone because he's able to fix shit. Yeah. How many Frankie characters are played by Wallace Shawn? One. Uh, just one. Just one? Yeah. Interesting question. And he's <laughs> and he's like the king, Frankie. Yeah. yeah. I uh, saw him, uh, he was in a cab and he went by me. And, but I was like Just like he's in a cabin My dinner with Andre I haven't seen that yet You gotta I've see that Why are you gonna Okay that No Get to Criterion Get it um, But yeah I... he, like, he was in the cab And I was at the crosswalk Waiting for the light Right by UCB And But like It was like I looked at him And recognized him and, But he was making eye contact Like we made eye contact At the same time yeah. And he like Had that like And he kind of smirked Because he clearly noticed We recognized him which I think must be the best way for a celebrity to know they got recognized. Yeah. It's like, one, they're in a car. I'm not going to bother him. He gets to speed away in like two seconds. Yeah. But he knows for a fact he got recognized. Yeah. You know? I, uh, I felt like I gave him a good Here's my, I don't think I've told this before. Uh, here's my Wallace Shawn story. It's kind of fun. Oh. Yeah. 
Um, in my day job at Barnesville Union Square. Ooh, wow. Uh, now I can just throw it around. Uh, this was a big deal in the podcast. Connor I never wouldn't would tell say where, where I worked. And, and we, signed it. we did a trade earlier where I revealed it, so now I can say the story. He came in years ago to the store, and he needed help finding a book in the Eastern Religion section. And it was an obscure book. I said, We had one copy of it, and I found it, like, instantly. And... Uh, he, he said, I'm, I'm looking for this book. And he's like, uh, uh, you may not have it. He had it written out. And I said, okay, let me look. I said, yeah, I, I, let me look and see if we have that. And I walked over, found it instantly. He goes, you have it. That's unbelievable. Oh my God. And you're like, ah. And uh, a, friend, a, a friend of mine was observing this and come by to visit. And he would just watch it happen. He says, I can't believe you like almost got him to say it. Yeah. Like, it was the same intonation, just a different word. He goes, that's unbelievable. That's incomprehensible. Um, I can't believe it at all. That's amazing. Uh, I love that. Yeah. He was very happy. There was another time when, I'm just going to drop names now, there was another time when uh, Deborah Eisenberg, uh, who's his longtime partner and a, and a writer of uh, uh, very acclaimed short stories, uh, and she came in and she was looking for a copy of The Designated Mourner, uh, which is a play that he wrote that was also a movie, a Walshan play that he wrote, and she was looking for it for a... I didn't know who she was, but uh, she was looking for it for a reading. She needed a copy for some sort of reading that they were doing. So you think the publisher would just give them? Yeah. And I was talking about how great it was, not knowing who she was. And she was like, oh, I actually live with the author. And I was like, you're Deborah Eisenberg? (laughs) And, uh, uh, and, uh, I'm like, yeah, we got your books over here. She's like, you have my books? I was like, yeah, we, I was giving us on. And so it was one of those things where it was like a, yeah, it was like a nice, it was a a nice interaction where I thought I was just interacting with just a person looking for a Wallace Shawn play. And I was enthusing about them, not realizing that I, so it was like, kind of like the, would that be the reverse of your taxi cab? Where it's like, yeah, I'm not kissing up no, to no, someone no. Or because I think they're famous. I'm being genuinely yeah. enthusiastic it's to so what I think is just a stranger. Yeah, and I'm saying nice things about. I think that's the best. That's the best. Part. Yeah. Like the other one's probably more, more common. I did a Jared Padalecki in London once. Um, he's like standing outside of boots, uh-huh. and I thought I still had my sunglasses on, so I like looked at him and like made eye contact and smirked, and then I walked away. I was like, he couldn't tell where I was looking. I had my sunglasses on, and then I was like. No, I don't. He totally saw me. Because he, well, he smiled, too. That's, that's, I'm trying to be New York about it. That's, know, like the, that's sort of like the closest thing to like when in, in movies or TV shows where someone thinks they're invisible or something. Like, <laughs> like it's not a real thing that normally happens because most people never think, like, well, I'm invisible. But yeah. it's like the invisibility thing right. where it's off and they're acting like it. Yeah, it's like, oh, I or, Uh, we were at the Hard Rock Cafe. No, classic? we were at Planet Hollywood. Oh, I was looking through it, what I thought was a two-way mirror, and I was looking at this kid, and all of a sudden he made eye contact with me. It's like that movie thing that never happens, too, where people go, wait, did I say that or did I think that? Yeah. Somebody goes, uh, you said it. They go, oh, no. Yeah. That's I right. Like, maybe I just am lonely and I live in New York. But, um, I find myself like uh, talking to myself. What's wrong? Is it low battery or no? No. Okay. It's full battery, baby. 
I didn't know if the red light meant low battery. No. What what indicates low battery? Uh, if there's the battery sign. Okay. What hour are you guys on? We're heading into the final hour. Yeah. Let's see yours. Oh, that wasn't mine. That was yours. Yeah. I thought that was mine. Yours is fine. Yeah. Oh my. What's your name? I'm JD. I'm Kara. Really? Yeah. Wait, what team? Um, what were we called? I don't know. It was three of us, and we were like, we wanted to be experimental. Oh. You have different hair now, though. Yeah, I do. Okay. No, I remember that team exactly, and I remember you now. I remember your face now. Well, no, your hair is very different. It is different. Yeah, it was like this long, and it was a different no, because I, I remember the team exactly. A chocolate almond? Oh, I'm okay. Okay. They're cruelty free. Duty free? Yeah, they're duty free. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna charge you tax. Only a small percentage of poop too. Duty. There we go. Thank you for being on twelve hour day. It's been a long day. Well, we mentioned Planet Hollywood earlier. I was trying to convince. We walked past Planet Hollywood, and JD said something. I said, I didn't know Planet Hollywood still existed. Oh. And I said, hey, let's do the next episode entirely from Planet Hollywood. Oh, no. JD said no. I said no. Yeah, well, we do a bumper at the beginning and end. Will that satisfy you? We do a 10 hours? Well, our next episode should be the uh, window episode. Yeah. Definitely. Oh, you're sitting in the window at Chelsea. You're sitting in the window at Chelsea. You see Chelsea. Oh, and outside. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's in cool. the display window? Yeah, oh, my God. Because we can also take breaks and go into Gristini's. We can go down to the green room and recharge. wait until it's nicer out because that window well, is fucking cold. We're supposed to do it in the summer and then Shannon too hot in the summer. Shannon was like, I'm worried it's going to be too hot. Can you guys do it later? And now it's the winter and everyone says it's going to be too cold. Thing, yeah. No, but we can bottle up. Cold's good for the equipment. Yeah. What's up? If you yeah. have, like, like, at least one good space heater, we'll probably be alright. Yeah. We'll be fine. Scarves, gloves, yeah. hot drinks. Gloves seem to be the main thing. Because your hands, my hands always get so cold. I'm going to go home and go to sleep because I have to work in the morning. We're about to have a screening of um, I know, I really want to stay. Christmas Eve on Sesame Street. If, it was, if you were doing the Muppet Christmas special, we did that last convinced. year. If we did that again, I would definitely stay because I love that movie so much. Now, have you seen Christmas Eve on Sesame Street? Um, I feel like I've seen uh, Pavel yes. describing a bit of it. And like the beginning sounds really familiar, so I feel like I saw it. Well, it's 1978. It it opens with Big Bird skating at Rockefeller Center, which we visited earlier today. Yes. Oh, okay. I believe, if, unless I'm mistaken, there's a runner throughout it with Bert and Ernie. That's what it sounds familiar. Where they each sell something and they do a gift to the Magi. Yeah. yeah. They keep and, trying to buy each other gifts, right? Yeah. And well, yeah, they do the gift where they get each other. They, they, sell, they sell their yes, yes, their yes, most yes. beloved possessions. Yeah. Maybe they did that as a, as a standalone. That I, that I definitely remember. Um, if it happens, I predict this. Not a dry eye in the house. I mean, honestly, my, one of my favorite things. If what happens? 
if we watch it. If we watch the movie that we're going to watch? Yeah. Uh, if, if it happens the way I remember it happening. Um, yeah. Uh, it's it's pretty good. I, the ending is good. It's very emotional. Mr. Hooper? Uh, a little bit. Why? What, what do you mean covered? We have actually really, we really haven't much. What did you do out there? You were out there for like six weeks. I was directing a TV show and then I was writing for a TV show. Oh, yeah. yeah, it was fun. It was nice. Yeah, it went well. It went fine. Yeah, LA is fine. I don't like it so much though. New York's a better place. New York makes it feel something. Yeah, LA is a fun place to work, but it's. Like yeah. Did you get anything good in your goblins and gnomes packs? I didn't get it. I didn't get it. I might be using this as a way to get off Hearth of Hearthstone. Really? Thank you. I I prefer to see you. You get three? You get three free packs. When? If you pay for it? No. Just, just by logging in. Fuck. Fuckers. Those fuckers. Because I played the arena. Um, oh, you got your free arena ticket? Yeah. I'm told it's very listenable. I should hear That's what I've heard. Okay. Um, you can turn it I've on. heard that it is that. I haven't had time to listen to them, but yeah. I've also had, only had time to record them, so yeah. Yeah. It's, it would be asking a bit much for you, me to also... You spend like, all of your time, yeah. But I've listened to some of it, and yeah. I find it... Yeah. So this is the thing that being... So I've been uh, doing um, the Citizen Radio podcast uh-huh. sometimes, which is really great, and I like it a lot, and I love Jamie and Allison and the other people who do it. It's really great, but it's been kind of a revelation for me because they have this big, like, their listener base is really big, Yeah. and everyone, I would do it, and then everyone loves me, and I get all this support and, like, people tweeting at me, and it's like... It's easy to forget, I think, when we're in this like weird community yeah. where we're all really funny and charismatic and awesome that like that's not that people won't respond to it well, yeah. you know? Because like we are that and we like each other and we support what we do. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, Kara. With a C. Hey, with I, a C. I'm with a C as well. Yeah. If you're with a K, that'd be weird. Kara with a K. Cool. Um, but yeah, the, uh, um, the the kind of thing is like it's we don't maybe I just don't I'm not in a position where I've ever really gotten all that much like positive feedback uh-huh. for being who I am. Yeah, you know what I mean. So then I go on this podcast and I like talk about what I really believe in yeah. and kind of like more kind of like extreme way than I usually let myself be. Yeah. Even like and and people are, like respond to it positively. Yeah, it's like always. Were you had a big surprising. Christmas party the other night. Uh, Brett and Sebastian had their Christmas party. They had their big Christmas party. Yeah, that was like a fun time. It was fun. We did like a white elephant, and it always goes way too long. Yeah. And like the first gift that was opened was like too expensive and fancy. Yeah. And so it made like instead of being like a balanced, fun, like what a weird goofy gift. Class it was a uh, it was a Keurig like Keurig machine that just went around and around and around. There were like other cool things that popped up too, but then it was just like like I got a gift that was like this is all these fun little things. Yeah. And it turned out that was no longer the strategy to make a present that anyone cared about. Yeah. And then I resented that I had to take home like fucking junk. Well, 
I'm just saying, it seemed like it was the holiday. Events. It's always a really fun. It, yeah. it is a really fun, and I couldn't go last year. I was too sick. So. Well, thanks Yay, for thanks holiday. for being on the holiday podcast. Great to see you. Hey, Mark. Yeah. Hello. Oh, Mark Davies here. Hey, how's from it going? Hit the Mark podcast. Yeah. <laughs> this is like the Simpsons Futurama crossover episode. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Two podcasts crossing over, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. And Alan's still never done my podcast. I Alan, why not? You. Yeah. Alan. Until he gets all the other members of Sandino, I will not do his podcast. Wait, who from Sandino hasn't done it? Uh, uh, Anna and Aaron, which are both on the list, of course. But everyone else has from Sandino. Connor's done it. Connor's great. It. Um, if if he gets Tom Levin to do one, will you do it as uh, another Hurricane member? Who else from the Hurricane has done it? Will Hines. Yeah. Has Neil? Uh, no, I would love to. Though. You gotta get Neil and Tom. Jesus, how how's the day been today? Good. Great. Oh my God. Are you going to see Christmas Eve on Sesame Street? Of course I am. I'm Excellent. So thrilled to see it. So why are you staying watch Christmas Eve on Sesame Street? Because I gotta go home. Why? What's at home? I'm tired. Do you Tell me the truth. I've been up since 6 a.m., okay? Huh? I've been up since 6 a.m. Why? Because I had a look. Tell me the truth. What's at home? How's the oh, My girlfriend? Yeah. Okay, so that's I'm it. Really <laughs> You're not allowed. Yeah. You're on 12-hour day. Wasn't there something recently where you weren't... Yeah, you weren't allowed... You begged me to be on the George Lewis talk show. I didn't beg you. You were like, why am I never on the George Lewis <laughs> talk show? And I said, okay, do this next one. You're like, I can't. It was on Halloween. Yeah, and you're like... Let me ask my girlfriend, is what you said. Yeah. What did you do on Halloween? Uh, yeah, we have. I hung out with her. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Midnight on Halloween? Halloween? Yeah, it'll oh, be fun. Oh, I did a show, I did a show and I got, that I got paid for. I would have paid you. $15? I paid everyone $15. <laughs> I I'll do George with a heartbeat. No, not really. But <laughs> you blew it. I Honor, that, turning into an empresario of theater, turning I, people down left and right. I hope... You, you still got the $50? Or did you spend it? <laughs> Just today, Connor said my shot of being George Lucas, I blew it by not showing up when I was un- not invited. No, when you said you were going to be there. Show up there. No, I didn't say you blew it. I said you can be in one. No, you said I could never be in one again. Yeah, it's true. You blew it! Did I blow it, really? Just for a while. Uh, <laughs> uh, that $50, until you pay me $50, uh, that is the debt that is owed me for you bailing on my show. See what I mean? I didn't bail on it. Bailing would have been like... That $50 is owed to me. Should we go help Matt set yeah, it? We have to go set up this screen. Until I see that $50. I dressed up in a morph suit for one of your other holidays. All right. Yeah, Connor, wait. We've been separating too much. I know we have. We have to maintain a singular conversation, otherwise it's unlistenable. <clears throat> or it's maybe it's new listenable. We're in stereo, right? Yeah, but I'm not gonna edit and separate them into separate tracks. Well then that's on you. No, that's don't do this to me. <laughs> um I'm all about that base. We don't have that we don't have, we can't clear that. I'm all about Do you need help? I'm okay. Are you guys? We got some recording still. Or are you oh, yeah. Are We're you still sure recording. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, when is your end? Do you, 
I think we're going to have to, we're going to be recording throughout the thing, but we okay. won't disturb anybody. Okay. Uh, All right. I did, so yeah, I did we brought go. cupcakes, too. Okay, great. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll seasonal holiday here. cupcakes. I'm excited for this, Pat. Yeah. yeah. Do you want to walk? Yeah, let's walk. Yeah. No, I think we're still, yeah. I have holiday music playing. I love it. We're now in the theater. East Steve Tice, how are you? Good, how you doing, JD? Doing well. Uh, what are you screening? What are you guys screening? We're screening Christmas Eve on Sesame Street. Fun. It's a excellent Christmas you special. Times? Yeah, I've seen it, yeah, growing up for that. The only... Oh, uh, wait. Oh, wait. What? The only commercial we have to play. Uh -huh. uh, you want me to try to track down another one? If it's on YouTube. Yeah? Is the Eminem's commercial? JD wants to play the M&M's commercial. And I'll set it up. I, I, just, I want to, I'll say, a f just in our top thing, I'll mention that this has been, Connor's gone on a tirade against the M&M's characters today. Is this, uh, uh, he does exist, they do exist? Yes. Okay, I'll get that. Boom, uh, it's boom, not in my, boom, it, it's not boom. the ones I crowd, but I'll, I'll, uh, I'll okay. get it as well. Uh, and I'll cut one that I don't necessarily love, so. It's a classic. But it is a classic, yeah. It's a classic, and Connor hates the M&M's character. I don't like him. The character specifically. He does exist. Yeah. I don't I do like exist. these characters. I think they're dumb. Just in that one, or in like the whole canon? I don't like any. I don't like anything that they've ever done with those characters. You know. Um. Uh, let's put down our stuff somewhere. Yeah. Can I, uh, would you mind taking over my role for a second, and I'm gonna go use the bathroom? Sure. Walk and talk with me here, Steve. All right. Stevie T. Wherever you are. Uh, for those of you listening, Steve Tice, brilliant comedian, writer, <laughs> husband, father. Those ones are true. Is now join joining us. Ex-teammate of mine. Yeah, yeah. On two teams. More than once. Every Herald team that I've been on, Steve has been on. Yeah. They were fun. Uh, yeah, I miss improvising with you, JD. I know. I haven't done improv in the longest time. Well, we did it uh, together a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I know. That, that was, was the first time. In that a was while, the first right? time in a while. We're in the green room at UCB East right now. Yeah, I'm telling it's no very one. no. It's you're telling <laughs> our listeners very right. Uh, aptly. Uh, so JD, I uh, got this soda for you in the Caribbean. Oh you my like, gosh! Uh, interesting soda. Yeah. Right? What it's, is it? It's called fruity. Fruity. It's from Barbados. Oh wow! And I got you banana. There are a myriad of flavors. This I had looks... probably ten flavors there. But I thought this, this is your is, favorite. This is, uh, I thought this was the most unique. The most unique. Like they had a really good ginger beer, and they also make a ginger ale. They make both. Interesting. Uh, they had a really good pear one. Um, Sugar, and, citrus. You know, a couple normal. More this normal. looks great. But this is very. They're all very good. Very refreshing. So I would, fruity, but not on the blast. I would get it. I would, I would chill it great. before you. Yeah, throw absolutely. It. This is amazing. Steve, yeah, thank so you. Yeah, so I thought JD would like one of these. That's so was, kind of you. I had to decide what flavor to get you. Steve, you're such a nice guy. Oh, thanks, man. How have you been? Good, I'm doing well. What have you been up to? Uh, I'm hanging out with Elle a lot. How is that? Is it? <laughs> is it? Is there a part of it that's super weird? You should be like, oh, this is my daughter. It is a little weird, but it comes gradually. This is a thing it's quickly, that but gradually, so you get used to you it. You and Lindsay created. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird when you step back and look at it. Has she done any stuff that you're like, wow, that's she does a, a thing lot that of I do. Yeah. Oh well, that I do. Maybe what not, but like just like things where you're like. Oh no, like that's a thing, that's a person. Yeah, yeah, yeah she, um, 
like she she can communicate very clearly now. So like if she wants something, like today I was feeding her, I gave her a couple of bites of uh, my cereal, right? Uh, which was like a sweet kid cereal that she's too young to have and I'm too old to have. Right. Uh, but You're she, like, well, we both won't tell. Yeah. But she saw me go, like going to get it, so she knew where it was. So she like she points at me, right? And then like says up, meaning me get up, right? And then points over at the cabinet. So she wants me to get up and go over there, right? It's just like she and then you like and whatever here, and she's like. Yeah. Don't know the rest there. of it, but yeah. don't know the words to describe she says, this. She'll yeah. say please, and then like Wait, yes. what was this? The hand motion. She does these signs, like American Sign Language. You can teach oh, it to they... babies. It's a thing people do, so we... Really? Like, she knows maybe 10 or 15 of them. Really? Uh, she also you speaks... Want to see what I learned? Yeah. What's that? Uh, J. D. Just J.D. That's all. That's me. That's good. I know. I get it. Your initials. Shout yeah, out. but I've got yeah. a... I've got a... This is, this is my oh, new thing now. Zip. That's good. Where'd you learn that? Zip. I learned it online last night. Randomly bringing this up because last night I was like, how do you do the J and D in sign language? And I was like, oh. So normally those are two different ones. Yeah. Yeah. Normally it's J. So what JD is doing is taking his pinky and swooping it down to make the J. To make and a as J. it comes up with But it, you don't make it in the shape of a J. It's the shape of a J to you as a person, but not to your viewer. Oh, so like it's which higher I realized. over here. Yeah. So, because you go... Yeah. Out to in, because I think it's just harder. That's a harder motion. Mm. So I just made it out to in, and then D is one finger pointing up like, like a nerd in a 1950s uh, industrial joke. Actually, I've got an idea. Sure, but it's like a lowercase D. Right. right? So yeah. It's yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. To you. Right, and then this is my other hand signal. <clears throat> Sure, J and a D. That can be there a logo, go. corporate yeah. logo. Do you have a corporate logo? Uh, that I do. One you, did, you did to me. That, I, that looked yeah, like a J. Exactly. To That's me. why I know how the what that looks like. That's for the viewer. My the logo that I use for things is like. It's something like that. Lowercase J, lowercase D. Uh -huh. That's Just my. Next to each other. Yeah. In a certain font, or do you write? I it's handwritten. Yeah. That's fine. So how's it been? Has it been a marathon today? It has. Good. I didn't sleep much last night, and I've been really tired today. I don't know. Where'd you guys go? Where were you? Uh, we started at my apartment. We we're supposed to be interviewed by The Atlantic today. Um, Monthly? The magazine, yeah. <laughs> Is that what it's yeah. called? Yeah, so, yeah. Monthly, yeah. And was that nerd? Yeah. And uh, then we had to reschedule, so we just went and walked around Macy's. Went up and saw Santa, went and saw the guy that sells beds. I don't know why, but we decided to talk to that guy. Mm -hmm. Then we saw some Christmas windows. Then we went by UCB Training Center. Then we came down here. A lot of walking, moving. Yeah, it's a cold day to do that, too. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard. I feel like there's a lot of stuff right now, and I think both of our lives that we can't really talk about, that are the things that are really occupying most of our thought. So think of tertiary things? Yeah, so it feels like sometimes we end up talking about stuff that's not like what we're feeling feeling right now just because things that we're feeling like we can't talk about hmm. you know like work stuff there's certain work stuff that we can't discuss so it's just like sure a lot of NDAs yeah so it's just like a weird thing yeah I don't know I'm now always self-conscious with these episodes of like is this in are people enjoying this still I think they are though I don't know this part I think they are no I think they are <laughs> no but I think honestly I think it's true is meeting new people and whatnot is something people like yeah, yeah. Did you ever? I mean, no, you were screened something last year, right? Yeah, you did. Muppet Family Christmas. Yeah. So we're basically doing Henson Christmas thing. It's a good Henson's fun. Yeah.
Oh, Connor's back. Doesn't mean you have to leave, but I am going to take this mic back. Oh, shit, yeah, I forgot. I'm probably on the 12, uh, the podcast right now, right? You are right now. Yeah. And there's no probably about it. You're talking right into the mic. Okay, cool. Guys, uh, I have a question about this podcast. All right, we got the answer. How do you guys uh, deal with batteries and charging the batteries during this whole Uh, we find someone to charge. Today we ran out of batteries in our recorder accidentally. Yeah. Uh, with like, I think we only lost a couple minutes. And then... Uh, our lives have lithium batteries, so they're... They last forever. They're good to go right now. Oh, wow. But we have to usually recharge and swap batteries at least once. Yeah. Yeah, I would think that would happen a lot. Yeah. So that's, that's a part of the process. Do you guys want me to get out of here? There's not a lot of people in here yet. No, it's okay. We're all, we're all, we're we're all family. Here. We're all friends and family. Yeah. Um, but now we have another hour to go. And we're about to show this thing. What do you think is our best strategy for doing this for listening experience? Tell people to sync it up. Here's or, what I think. Yeah. Or just let's, com- comment on it. Let's why discreetly into the microphone. Let's see here. if Pat can put the feet in. Let it ride. And then you and I are both have to go back home the same way, anyways. Yeah. So we record an extra. Do we want the listener to just listen to the audio of the thing, or do we want the listener to hear us discreetly talking during it in the microphone? I think that's going to be. I think that's not going to be fun. Like a commentary track? Well, those people yeah, but they're not gonna, it's not going to yeah. be full commentary track. They're going to be like whispering. Yeah. And they're not going to hear the full thing. I think if we give them the full feed of... All right. Uh, I give you the technical... You have the technical know-how to know what's possible. I'll ask Pat if that's possible. Like, All right. Like a specialist or like Otherwise, what do you think? Well, I think the other option is to say hit play on your... Thing now and listen to this as a right, but we don't want to talk during the whole thing. Would that be obnoxious if we invited? I don't think they hear us. Would they? Yeah, we're just talking. Uh, there, there, I, there I feel like part of this is like we need to sit up front and show people that we're all enjoying this. Yeah, friends and family. Yeah, it just feels weird to have this thing and then sit in the back and talk through the whole thing. Yeah, like who else? Pat, is there an XLR out on the board? Uh, yeah. Can I hook up our recorder to it so that our listeners can listen along to the program? Uh, yeah, we can do that. I haven't been here in a long time. I can record, uh, I can just do a board uh, recording on Audacity oh. and send you a WAV file. That would be cool. Okay, cool. I would like that. That'd be great. Great. Yeah. Uh, I'll awesome. just do that so that you guys don't have to touch anything. Uh, That'd be great. And uh, Orlando, I'll do it how are you? right as I start the, um, do you want a cupcake? Uh, the commercials, so that way you can sync up. Perfect. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you so, so much, Pat. Holiday cupcakes. The, the board report. Hey, Jamie, thank you for coming. Hey, Jason, how are you? Thank you for coming. Un cupcake, Carl. Thank you for coming. This is all for the people here. Welcome, welcome, welcome. What's the what's cupcake in Spanish? Pudentito. Uh, what is it? Adam Bozar. Spell that for me. Hey, man. Thanks for coming. P-U-D-I-N-S-I-T-O. Pudentito. Pudentito. Ah, uh, I think JD and I are going to take these probably. Yeah. What time is it right now? Oh, not bad. Are we going to sit here or join? All right. I have your Adam, screen again. Uh, Ses- Christmas yeah, Eve on yeah. Sesame Street. Yeah. Yeah. Join us. Hi, Heidi. How are you? Yeah. Grab so treats. Good. Sorry, buddy. 
Yeah, treats. You want to go the green cupcakes? Yeah, they, they go with your shirt. Yeah, that's why I picked it. It's great. Um, excellent. The holidays are all about share. Um, once I saw you on the train, yeah, you were like reading or doing something like this. Yeah. I didn't look up. I rode for like five stops. Oh, say hello. Yeah. I, I, I it was too weird at that point. Uh, I always say hello if you see me. I probably was. I am always in a super intense mode when I'm on the train. You have to be. And I'm really bad at noticing things. I, I figured that. But, you know. Test, test, test. There we go. Ouch. Ow. My knee's broken. Your knee's broken? Something's weird. That's a that's a big development late in the podcast. This ha- it's happened for a while. How are you, Matt? Good. Yeah. You're coming Wednesday, right? Yes. Thank Good. You. No, of course. I mean, like, this is like the thing that I'm probably freaked out about. A little That's bit. awesome. Because it's like his band, Mr. T Experience, was the band that like opened me up to like everything. Like, that was the punk rock band that I listened to. That That's like, awesome. And I yeah. never got to see them play because like I didn't have a car, and then they never came back to the East Coast. Yeah. Come on out, of course. Hell yeah. Don't worry about tickets. Just come on by. Cool. They have tickets now for the I mean, not. Uh, There's like reservations just so we don't go over capacity, right. but don't worry, it's it's just a formality. Yeah. This is a good turnout for a, for a Monday night in winter. Yeah, this is really great. Yeah, it's great. I mean, there are a few people in Sony's that don't know why they came back in because they're at I assume there are a couple of people that don't know why they're sitting down and don't know what they're about to see. Most of these people are get their show family. Yeah. Yeah. I tried. Uh, I asked Pat if I could announce it to the nurse. Yeah. And I said no. I go, All right, then never mind. Because there are a bunch of people I don't know. Right. Yeah. I can't have a ton of people I don't know because I'm at this point now responsible. It's like Denise right. is off the clock, as she should be. Right. And then I take fair responsibility yeah for you don't know what kind of monsters are out there well I don't know what kind of weirdos go to Nerd Jam it could be any number of yeah, yeah. it's a very specific weirdo yeah we can vouch for the Gethard Show weirdos yeah they're docile well also they like they've already they already know what it's like to be ostracized from ostracized people that's right they don't want to go through this again and they've right. already they've already all had many opportunities to destroy buildings and they never have right yeah. Yeah, we let we let them spaces. into a very expensive studio space every week. Yeah, you, two different ones yeah. over the course of the year. Yeah. yeah. How's the cupcake? Good. 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 I'm gonna have one, I think. I'm gonna have a chocolate. Just the right size to pop it in your mouth. Perfect. Pop it in. Let it go. Take more snacks. I'm 100% here on incidents. Came here for the jam. So uh-huh. I know this was happening. Jason, it's perfect. We're it's glad just, to have you here. No, it is really perfect thing. Wonderful. Do you even know what's going to happen? No, I you don't. Know, you don't know what's going to happen? No, I don't. All right. <laughs> People I recognize. Yeah. All right. It's wonderful. going to go double check the snow in the front. Connor cannot hear me. Hey, I talked to Jesse and Connor here. Hey. Hey. How you guys doing? Pretty good. Yeah? Are we in the last hour of your podcast? Yeah, we're in the final hour of it. That's exciting. Can we talk about parenthood? 
Yeah, what do you want to talk about? I'm all caught up. Uh, I've never seen an episode. Uh, watch it on streaming. Okay. It's worth it? I think so. I don't know. If, I wouldn't recommend it for everybody because I don't know how much you like human emotion. I'm going to be honest. Not a lot. Yeah, see, that's why I wouldn't recommend it to you. You're snarky. Like, when people are good to you, sometimes you'll respond by being, like, an asshole about it. Perfect. You know? And you're a good guy. I'm having a great time here on my first time on this podcast. Yeah, even that sounds like a little snarky. <laughs> Um, no, like, uh... Good. I just want to make sure there's no... Like, what's in... Do you like Friday Night Lights? Hiding in fear okay. outside. Have you ever seen something that... Of the Get Their Show crew. ...had yeah. any semblance of heart? Uh... Or you just like, jokes, jokes, all the time, jokes? Kind of. Yeah, maybe when you're older. Okay, cool, thanks. All right. Patrick was asking me whether he should watch Parenthood, and I'm like, I don't think you like things like that. I've never watched Parenthood either. Uh oh, fashion faux pas. No, fashion forward. Hey, I want to take, I want to do an episode where we take Connor shopping for clothes. But all the clothes are paid for by listeners of the podcast. No, no listeners like you. You're making this up right now. Yeah, we should do a thing. If you, if you're making the listeners pay for it, we should post photos. They get to pick everything. Yeah, but you gotta be nice. You got the goal is to make me well dressed. They also did some boudoir. <laughs> yeah. I have a studio apartment. The whole thing's boudoir. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Great. I'm gonna kill the music. Orlando just said he wanted boudoir photos. What's that? Orlando just said we, they wanted boudoir photos. Photos in my bedroom. Oh, that's a Christmas. That would be a big Christmas gift. Yeah. Hi, oh, friends. Hello. Hi. Welcome to the second annual holiday Woo! UCB East after hours screening. This is now a tradition. We yeah. did it twice. Legally, that makes it a tradition. <laughs> In the eyes of uh, the Lord and New York State, this is a tradition. <laughs> yes. So, as these annual screenings go, we like to transport ourselves back to a childlike state, a state of wonder and friendship and awe of the holiday time and winter in general. We like to let our, the stresses of the world melt off our brains and just sort of uh, reduce ourselves back to that state where we can just take in some good old-fashioned childhood holiday special cinema or television and just really enjoy it. Right, Connor? Yes. <laughs> we also benefit from, like, there are many people who, like, wouldn't have seen this when it first aired or yeah. have never seen it because it wasn't repeated. Uh, there are certain holiday specials that are on every year and others that are lost to editing and legal rights and the passage of time. Yeah. And so, that being said, what is our screening tonight, Pat? So we are looking at Christmas Eve on Sesame Street. Uh, uh, this is the 45th anniversary of Sesame Street. The, this one aired in 1978, so you got to understand from our perspective, and from mine in particular, I don't want to speak for everybody, but this is like prime Sesame. Uh, <laughs> this is this is before all the. Uh... This is before. No, this is not like an animated calypso opening sequence. This is when the opening was shot on film, 
uh, for the regular season. This is before Pre-Elmo. They, this is before they did a lot of the sketches that Connor ended up not being a fan of later in life. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to bring, I don't want to bring it down. I don't want to bring it to a dark place. But uh, modern day Sesame Street spoofs a lot of things that I don't think should be spoofed. And. Uh, I don't. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen this in a long time. But I'm gonna. I'm gonna wager that there's nothing inappropriate in this. And to get us in the mood of our screening, first, Pat has curated a selection of uh, yeah commercials. Commercials uh, from the period. We're this is since this is our second year in a row. Uh, we're looking at television specials now. PBS obviously isn't gonna air commercial breaks or anything like that. But they're uh, sponsored by corporations that viewers like you. Yeah, and, and uh, rich people that will never hear anything about that only for some reason support public television. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so we have a few commercials to kind of ease us in. You'll know the movie is about to start. When you see uh, what I like to refer to, uh, as many do, the incest uh, holiday commercial, yeah. uh, which is also now its own holiday tradition. Yeah. You're watching that commercial and go, why would anyone see the weird sexual tension in this commercial? Yeah. And this year I've, I asked Pat to add a commercial of a, the M&M's variety because I've recently learned Connor hates the M&M <laughs> animated character. I hate those guys. <laughs> I hate them. I mean, gets, I get mad when I see them. <laughs> and I love M&M's. I love M&M's. I think those characters are poorly realized. I think the jokes, I think the jokes are terrible, and they sell out their premise constantly. <laughs> yeah. So we're, we have one of the classic M&M's holiday commercials, the one that we all know the words to, and we're all, everyone's gonna everyone everyone's gonna it. say the words along. Yeah, there's a few. Uh, yeah, we've got uh, uh, we got some snacks here. Feel free to come up. Yeah, come up and grab some snacks. We got cupcakes. We got candy canes. We got assorted uh, Milky Way products in, in miniature size. Uh, the runtime of this is an hour plus a couple minutes of commercial. Uh, bar is closed, so I hope you got a drink beforehand. Doors uh, doors will be locked except in case of fire. <laughs> Fla- flames will activate the unlocking device. Yeah, the locks are made of wood. Connor and, I, uh, Connor and JD are joking, but I will take the opportunity to say that uh, I am uh, technically in charge and I love everyone, but everyone please be cool and awesome because yeah. I want to keep doing stuff like this, maybe not even, maybe even more than just once a year. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we can do it more often. But we, we never would be able to do it if, if people were dicks. Yeah. So and that's why you all need to tweet, hashtag, don't. holiday screen. No, 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 don't tweet about this. But honestly, if you guys want any hope in hell of seeing the Family Circus, circus Easter special. <laughs> oh. That's tempting. You know? Oh, we gotta be cool. You gotta be cool, guys. <laughs> Alright? Cool. cool like Bill Keen, cool. Uh, you guys talk for another 30 seconds while I go back and set stuff up, okay? All okay, right. what are some other specials we could watch? We could also watch the Hughley's St. Patrick's Day special. What's that? The Hughley's? Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah? We could watch uh, the uh, Valentine's Day episode of St. Elsewhere. Uh, we could watch the Labor Day episode of Wacky Races. What? Cupcakes, though. Candy cane. You asking for a cupcake in the middle of our speech? <laughs> Happy holidays to you, Orlando. What? Two minis? Guys, in case you forgot what you look like. Oh, thank you. Candy canes, anyone? Are those the right minis? Oh, thank you. What kind do you want? 
Float, let's float these around. Matthew, you just want two greenies. All right, let's count it down. Okay, everybody, I want you to, we're going to count down from... Two. From two to zero. And in those two seconds, eliminate the stress of your life and become holiday children again as we're among friends watching Hi, Christmas Daddy. Eve on Sesame Street. Hi, Daddy. Okay, here we go. Two, two, one, zero. zero. Holy shit. A Christmas electronic Instead of making you guys listen to uh, an hour and a half of the audio of the Christmas Eve on Sesame Street, uh, we're going to jump back into some more private time. So uh, here's Connor with some private time. Go in and out the door, I'm touching the same doorknob that he touched. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I'm recording you now, Mom. Is that right? Mm. I need your permission. No. What? No. No? Why not? Because. Because why? Because you have already turned that on and you think I'm an idiot. No. No, not at all. I have turned it on, but I don't think you're an idiot. I did it right in front of you. I didn't try to hide that I was turning this on. I think you did, because you started asking questions before I actually got ready for an interview. It's not an interview. We're just talking. Because I have a cold, I sound like... What's her name from the Golden Girls? Which uh, one? The big tall one. They've got a male voice like that. B. Arthur? I sound like B. Arthur today. Mm. And normally I sound up like a two-year-old. Uh-huh. Uh... It's, what's the date today? It's the 23rd of December. Yesterday I talked with Brienne for a while. What did you talk about? Uh, different stuff. Uh, I asked her what she, because she was doing work, so we talked about her work for a little bit. And talked about various other things. I'm going to talk to you for a bit, and then I'm going to talk to Dad probably tomorrow. Now, <coughs> now we should establish, you're sick. I am very sick. You were you're out. You're sick to be making me do this. You were out all of yesterday, yes. basically. You last a whole day. And by that, I don't mean out of the house. I no, just you're just like asleep. Like a zombie. And that happened all of a sudden. Yeah. So we were just saying that last year was all dominated, all of the all of the illness was dominated by Dad. He, I don't remember anyone else feeling bad or ill. Because we couldn't afford to feel bad. No. I probably felt very bad, but I'm a saint. Yeah. And then the year before that, I think, was the year that there was at least one full day... Uh, am I remembering that right? I don't remember you being sick, but... There was, I know there was a... Oh, I think because I remember I went to the movies. I went to Ramada for theaters, which was the Dollar Theater. Uh, which sure was... Fi- surefire way to get sick. Well, no, I went there, which is the old... used to be one of the two main movie theaters, and it was closed for a while, and then someone reopened it for a few years as a Dollar Theater. Yeah. And I went and saw, what's the one where he's jumping around in time? Um, um, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Bruce oh, yeah. Willis. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes. Oh. Is it Jumper? Is that the name of the movie or something? Jump- like? Yeah, something No, like it's not Jumper. It's something else. It's, um, something with an R on the end of it. Let me look it up on your iPad. Um, the, but I went and saw that. And then, I think during that or or shortly after, I felt sick. And I remember feeling like it was such a rip-off that when you take a week (laughs) off, when you have vacation, that you then uh, lose any of that time at all to um, illness. It feels like you're, it's, you don't don't even get that normal thing of like having a, a... a sick Looper, that was the one. I haven't even looper. got to the part where I looked it up. Yeah, Jumper is right. a different uh, looper. movie from a couple of years That was good. Earlier. Yeah, I liked the movie. Yeah. I saw it like at the t- it was at the tail end of um, it being released. Because I think it came out on DVD like two weeks after I saw it. Yeah. A week after I saw it. But a visit to Ramada is, that's like a petri dish there. Do that you think? Place. Yeah. I don't think any, any movie theater. But I also yeah, think... Yeah, it's been uncared for for a long time. Maybe. And it closed down shortly after that. Yeah. Um, 
But so you were you're now in, you've lost I would say a day and a half of yes. Christmas week to this. Which I'm not getting any younger. I can't afford to lose a day and a half. Um, <clears throat> the, uh, but I think you'll feel better by this evening, and then tomorrow you'll be fine. Yeah, that's what I predict. Yeah, because I normally don't get sick like this. Yeah. Yeah, I get a cough maybe, but you get a cough, it's but it's to rare. The, it's rare that you ever <laughs> have, have, to, a, have to, to have a full sick day. Yeah. So is this I feel like I average like one a year. Well, I feel like I average like one a year, one day a year where I... I have to get to your bed, yeah. Yeah, and with me it's partly exhaustion just because if I don't get enough rest, so sometimes if I'm running too much too often, then at a certain point I yeah. feel like my whole system shuts down. I think I'm exhausted that's what you as are? well. I think I'm worn out. Yeah. Well, you said, is that it? You just asked me, is that it? Are you asking if the interview the conversation yeah. is over? Yeah. No, we're only five minutes into this. Is it more exciting when you and JD talk for 12 hours? I wouldn't know. Because this is not... You don't... Can't. Oh, you sound like JD. That's what JD always... What's JD always says, oh, I don't think this is interesting, it's not good, or whatever, and then later on, he changes his mind. You're going to tell me this is going to sound brilliant later on. It might. Yay. It might. Um, what's your favorite Christmas song? Do you have one? I do. I have several. Um, oh. It depends. I like different versions of mm -hmm. different yeah. songs. And I like Oh Holy Night. Uh-huh. If it's done by somebody really good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Grandma got run over by a reindeer. It's a novelty song no. and, a, and a religious song. <laughs> no. Yeah. Don't like that one. Um, yeah, Oh Holy Night and like Heart the Herald Angels Sing. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess they're all they're all kind of religious songs because yeah. that's what we grew up with. Now, do you, when you, your feeling of Christmas, because I just celebrate it purely as a secular Yes, you holiday. do. Gimme, gimme, gimme. No, gimme, gimme, gimme. <laughs> um, the, uh, uh, although your present uh, may not be here. <laughs> it's that story of my life. Um, just, just so I can say this on record, um, even though I had ordered something that was guaranteed to be here by today, the 23rd, uh, I got a, a message late last night, a notice saying that... Uh, my package has been delayed one to two business days um, because of an issue with the carrier. The carrier, of course, being UPS, United Parcel Service, which is my least favorite. Uh, I mean, they're horrible. They're which is horrible. my favorite. But you have a system, well... Then I have a great system. Where they just, we have enough property around your house that you, uh, they can just leave it on the porch well, and it's fine. Yeah, and my main guy doesn't even just leave it outside. He brings it around the yeah. side of the house and puts it in the screen ports on on a chair where it won't get rained on or stolen. Yeah. Or I just get ransom notes saying, <laughs> we have your package. What are you going to do about it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that would be awful. Three, three days in a row I'll get a package saying, we tried at one in the afternoon on a work day. Uh, we'll try again tomorrow at one o'clock in the afternoon. afternoon. yeah. And they try three days in a row and then they say, well, you were, you were never here so we couldn't deliver it even though it's our job. Get stuff. We've been paid to deliver something to you but we don't have any contingency for if you have a job. Yeah. 
Um, oh, you don't have any place you could have it. You can't have it delivered at work now. I tried. I just have bad luck with it as well because I've I've had stuff delivered to work and it's been gone missing. Um, because the problem is, so much stuff gets delivered that, uh, like one time I had something delivered and it got, it was a <coughs> something delivered. And it was in a poster roll. And the receivers where I work, they thought it was a promo poster, so they gave it to... They put it in. There's a big thing in one of the offices where the people who handle the events and stuff, they get free posters all the time for stuff, and they just put it in there as if it was, like, junk mail. Yeah. And, um... Didn't look and see whose name was on the room. Nope, they just put it in, yeah. Um, but, uh... No, so your... Uh... Your UPS package has been... Waylaid, so maybe it'll come tomorrow. Yeah, if not, it'll be on Friday once I'm already gone. Yeah, uh, no, but I still don't like it. You won't see the disappointment on my face. I think you'll like it. (laughs) Uh, you're hard to buy for, though. Am I really? You're hard to buy for because, uh, you like I know there's I could get you like a nice candle or a nice there's ornamental things, but you already have so many of those things that I don't want to add to the clutter. You know, because I was good. Uh, yeah. A book is always good. That's true. Well, man, I need to go find you a book today. I always like when I get a book. Um, um but, uh, it's, because it, you have so many things and the house is, is nice and you have more things than you have room to display. So I don't want to add something if yeah, you don't have space for it. Yeah, that's true because we are downsizing Because you're, you're, uh, you've got plenty of nice things that are in boxes because the, the house is not cluttered. When I say I don't want to add to the clutter, I mean I don't want to add something that's just another thing that you yeah. have. Um, that there's not a spot for it. Yeah. Um, but, so I celebrate... For me, Christmas is not a religious holiday. Just but I don't... Come home. Just, I just like it's about friendship and, mm-hmm. and having time with family and yeah. you get gifts for people and... It is. Uh, and it's it nice. twice a year. Um, but do you celebrate it as a religious holiday? Not anymore. Not anymore. No. Uh, now, do you do you feel like I have had an influence on that? Oh God, I hope not. I think I I think I have had an influence. You would say a bad. I'm a bad influence. No. I think my agnosticism was a was a um, my early agnosticism was a was a blessing. Tre- was a trendsetter in this family. Yeah, if you go to hell, it's my fault for letting <laughs> you not be confirmed. Uh, do you remember how mad you were at me when I refused to be confirmed? Yes. You're, do you remember that Thanksgiving? No. That was Thanksgiving in New York when you were insisting we were, we were at Thanksgiving dinner and you wouldn't let the topic drop that when you, you got to take these confirmation classes, you got to take these confirmation classes. <laughs> and I didn't want to... I, if, you, if I could have just signed a form saying, yes, I'm confirmed, yeah. I would have done it just to... Shut me up. Yeah. But it was going to be, I was going to have to take classes all year long, and I knew I didn't believe in it. So to me, it was like, I don't want to give a weeknight up all year long. It was Sunday my, afternoon. Sunday well. afternoon or whenever, yeah. And it, it, it affected Shakespeare in the Park. Yeah, and then just like, my whole senior year would have been damaged by it. Yeah. So uh, I remember you were pushing me. Do you remember this at all? Oh, some of it. You were pushing me on the topic, and I said to you... Um, you were like, why don't you... I said, I don't think I want to get confirmed. And you said, why not? And I said, well, because I don't know if I believe in God, and I definitely don't believe in the Catholic Church. Do you remember that? No. 
Uh, and I think that's an opinion that has held up well in light of that was what yes. 1992. Had anybody had anybody in the Catholic Church tried to do anything to no. you before that point? No, you hadn't had any bad no. experience. I hadn't, but I had a I had a sense of the organization that, that it was going to happen any day. Well, because was ninety two would have been before the shit hit the fan as far as all of the big. It, there were jokes about it. There were always jokes about it. Yeah, like alter uh, the there was always the there was. How old is the, there's the kind of the archetype of like the priest who's molesting the altar boys? That's an older archetype, well, right? I, when I was young, I remember, and it wasn't a priest, but the, the scud about it at the time was in the boys' school, mm -hmm. not a Catholic school, but a lay school. Yeah. And, and that principal there had a bad reputation. Mm -hmm. And he then left and was gone. Yeah. You know, but you never heard, like, what the story was. But everybody was talking about him. Even though I was very young, I remember hearing that. Oh, yeah, yeah, he couldn't keep his yeah. self to himself, you know. So, I don't... I don't... But 92 was before it be... Like, now it's not a controversial thing. If you, if you make that statement about the Catholic Church, it's been so well established sure. that... Uh, even, I think, the Catholic League doesn't can't really fight back on that charge, even though they would try to. Yeah. Um, or they'd say it's not fair or something. But I feel like my rejection of the Catholic Church was uh, prescient. Oh, you're so obnoxious sometimes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but I yeah, do sometimes I, think yeah. we stopped going to churches often after that, and you would do your prayer hour, which was more of a... like you would. That was my that, own thing. That was your own thing. Yeah, so it was sort of like you have your own... You have your own sense of of things, but you were you're less connected to it. You became increasingly less uh definitely less connected to the Catholic Church and to be honest i when all of that stuff you know hit the fan, I realized growing up how horrible most of them had been mm -hmm. the nuns and the priests yeah they were very power power hungry mm -hmm. and you weren't entitled. You grew up in in Arklow. We should establish this in case. Yeah. Uh, that you grew up in Arklow in County Wicklow in yeah. Ireland. Yeah. So you like your all of your teachers were nuns, right? No, not oh, in no. grade school. I, was, grade I went school? to a lay school. I went to a school outside of town, mm -hmm. which was hard to get into if you were from town. But um, my oldest brother had gone there, and he was a sort of genius. And uh, they took in most of the rest of us, and they found out that that. Wasn't a strain that ran through the family. Liam, Liam, Liam was, was the brilliant. only genius. Yeah. Name um, all of your siblings in in order of in age. In order. Yeah. Um, Liam. Liam, born what year? We, I, I won't do other years, so we won't um, do it. We'll just do Liam. I think for, Liam is maybe thirty-four. Born thirty-four. Born thirty-four. Okay. And then um, Breda, a girl, and then Finton, a boy, mm -hmm. and then. Maura, a girl, mm -hmm. and then Michael, a boy, mm -hmm. and then me, mm -hmm. a girl, mm -hmm. then Dennis, a boy, mm -hmm. then Claire, a girl. Mm -hmm. So now we've had a boy, a girl, a boy, so a girl, had, all the way down. We've had eight with the pattern, right? Is that seven? Seven, seven. Yeah, seven. Uh, Claire, Claire, eight. Yeah. Eight. And then my mother miscarried between Claire and Bernie. Uh huh. And she used to say it was a boy. Uh -huh. I'm not sure that she would have known that then. But but the math um, holds up. But the math holds up. And then, so she had Bernie, Bernadette, and then she had Dermot. And 
Dermot was the last child that lived. She had another miscarriage and then she had a baby boy in her 40s who only lived a night. Mm-hmm. You know, we went to we went to school the next morning and it was a long walk to school, uphill both ways with no shoes. But it was that kind of yeah, like yeah. a long way out of town. And give me a, an idea so from I know where you lived, what what direction was the Dublin. school? At the Dublin Road. So like towards where like Claire and Bernie up that way? No, no, no. Oh, no, other way. No. Uh, went across the bridge. Okay, across the all bridge. All the way across. Oh, I know where that is. Yeah, there. I know where That's that is. That's like about a mile. Yeah. And um, That's still a school out there, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I, say, I know where that is. Yeah. I've added on. I know where that is. But they don't take children from town anymore. And, uh, but, but with all those children, um, we went to school the, the morning after that baby was born, that youngest brother. Yeah. And, um, of course, you tell when you go in. You have everybody told when, and everybody was having new babies every day. You had a new baby brother, and they prayed. Everybody prayed for the new O'Connor mm-hmm. um, baby. And when I went home, he was gone. Yeah, just gone. You know, uh, he had not um, survived. And I, I have, I have a sense that he might have maybe been a Down syndrome child, or mm-hmm. anyway. My mother used to say, like the run to the litter. He just wasn't strong enough. Mm-hmm. And she knew when she looked at him that there was something wrong. And my sister stayed, my older sister stayed home to help my mom that day, and she baptized him. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So. Um, Where did they bury him? <coughs> the backyard. No. The backyard. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, no. No, no. Um, no, he would, but there was no funeral. You yeah. Know, just was taken care of. Had they named him? As they hadn't named him? They had named him. He was Colin. Colin. And, um, but from the first child to the tenth child, the last child that lived, there were only 14, less than 15 years between Mm -hmm. Liam and Dermot. Yeah. Like a year and three months between. Wow. Kids, that's a lot. Yeah. That is a lot. What's the, so what's the longest gap between? The longest gap is where there were miscarriages at the end. Between um, what's the the longest gap where there weren't miscarriages? I don't know. Mm. I the gap between not long was two years between Bernie and Dermot. Yeah, but but there would have been a baby in there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, and that's tough. I mean, with no really no washing machine, right? No money. I remember what that house was like. Yeah. In would have been around the early nineteen eighties. Yeah. And it still felt. My memory of it still, and at that point, felt like a fairly old, old, drafty kind of basic. Yeah. I remember going upstairs to where, like, there were. Well, what's interesting yeah. was that upstairs was there was a, um, a low side of the house, and then a tall side, two-story side of the house. Yeah. And it seemed to me like it could have been two, actually, two houses. Mm-hmm. You no, know, it was built like the small side of the house, and then I think maybe somebody added on. Yeah. And it was quite big. The the two-story side of the house was big because the living room and the dining room, at sometimes it was dining room, other, other times it was a bedroom, at the back of that. And upstairs was only one room, mm-hmm. you know, but it was big enough for four boys, Yeah, you know? But it's very, like, it's very, you've said Angela's Ashes is very uh, much like your... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, because I, now my dad didn't drink. We didn't have that kind of, we didn't have that kind of experience. Um, he was a butcher and he played the fiddle. 
and he played cards, and that was his thing. Mm-hmm. And my mother used to talk about that um, one night she was waiting for him, and he, you know, I guess he got in a good card game with some guys that he used to go and play poker with. And not big stakes poker, because he didn't have, you know, extra money. But he, uh, she went up to, she went uptown. It was late, like it was midnight or something. She thought, where is he? And uh, something happened to him. And so she went uptown. And when she got in the middle of town, you know what that little cemetery is? Uh-huh. Um, park thing. The, the side of that, there was a little building where the guys met, like a men's club. When I say men's club, the only thing in there were chairs and table, probably. Uh-huh. Um, and... Just a club where men gathered. Where they gathered, and she realized that they were coming, and she thought, "Oh God!" She did not want to be caught mm-hmm. on the main street after midnight, um, and have my dad, you know, be made fun of for shim- her coming to look af- after where it was. Yeah. And so she took off, you know, like a bat out of hell, and and uh, got in, and he he told her. He told her he's, someone was on the street after midnight, you know. But I think he knew. I think he was saying it to her deliberately. Mm-hmm. that So that she would admit, she would never admit. Yeah. That she'd gone looking for him. But, yeah. No, it's, yeah, definitely that was, uh, people, now I will say that, that Limerick, mm-hmm. um, where Angela's Ashes is, is a very cold, you know, wind off the Atlantic kind of place. Yeah. And very poor at that time. I think where we lived, closer to Dublin, people were a little bit better off. And we lived in a fishing fishing community. So, you know, there'd always be fish. And everybody had a garden. We always had plenty of vegetables. Yeah, I remember there's the apple tree in the backyard. Apple trees, gooseberry trees we had, bushes when I was young. And but blackberries we, everywhere. Uh-huh. Oh, blackberries everywhere, just wild. Yeah. So, um, when we were kids, we used to... We'd get a can on the weekend and go out and pick blackberries. And then you could sell them mm-hmm. to um, a company. I guess they used it for jam or something. And <laughs> we'd bring our little can of blackberries and he'd weigh it and he'd give you sixpence or something, which was huge. Mm-hmm. And they... Um, but what we found out afterwards, some of the boys that were doing it were putting rocks in the bottom of the can uh-huh. to make it way heavier. Yeah. <laughs> Never thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when remember when we were in Dublin and uh all day long we kept seeing the kids with the cans collecting for charity. Oh yeah. And they would come up and they yeah. asked for money and it was all for it was all legitimate charity. So all the cancers they had were all this, yeah. yeah. And so we saw them all day long and then at the end of the day we were walking through a park in Dublin. What park would it have been? St- at Stevens Green. Stevens Green and all the little boys were uh lying Did, on their backs. Uh, no, they were trying to shake the money yeah, out because they they were official yeah, cans, cans that you'd put the money in, that they, but the only way you could get the money out was to try to shake it through the, well, the coin hole, and they were you, getting all the coins out of it. You have to have a knife. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, I know how to do that. Yeah. Never did that, but yeah, that's how you get that. But um, yeah, and we, we went to Wexford one day, and um, they had these little um, boys busking. Mm-hmm. in the main street in Wexford. Yeah. And people and tourists would stand around because it was kind of nice to see these kids playing music and dancing and singing. And um, and we, you know, we threw in their cap or their their um, music case or whatever. And the next day we went to Dublin, which is, you know, 60, 70 miles away. And the same kids were in Dublin. 
on Grafton Street. Bill said, this is a franchise. <laughs> Same little kids, you know, travel that far to... That's their gig, you know, that's their their route. Yeah. But, um, yeah, but the thing... To go back to Angela's Ashes for a minute, I did... When I got that book, I thought it was just the funniest thing I ever read. And I remember um, calling my brother and reading parts of it to him over the phone, and we were both laughing so hard because... And the character in Angela's Ashes used to go sit under somebody else's window because they had a record player or a radio, whatever it was. Mm. And we used to do that very same thing. A man who lived like two doors away from us had a record player. And he you wouldn't have to go sit on his window because you could hear it from anybody's house. He played um, Mel Torme. Mm -hmm. That's what I associate Mel Torme with was sitting outside his uh, his house and listening to this really cranked up loud yeah. music. Was he playing the radio or was he playing records? I think records? that was record. I think that was records. Because mm -hmm. we didn't have records. Um, when I was a teenager, we got a record player and my, my brother Liam was trying to introduce me to, you know, the genius, was trying to introduce me to classical music. Mm -hmm. And... Do you remember any particular... Eine Kleine Nachtmusik. Mm-hmm. Which is um, a little light music. A little light music, yeah. and uh, and I still, you know, I do, I do, I recognize it at least. But he was always playing classical music for us. And then he tried to got me a notebook and he tried to teach me French. Mm -hmm. That didn't take. Didn't take. No, because who was I going to speak French to, other than him? Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so yeah, and it wasn't. You know, we didn't have anything, but it wasn't. Um, it wasn't a terrible childhood or anything. Yeah. Even though by today's standards and people say that about parents hitting kids, and I never really hit you guys or anything, because I was I was beaten when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah. Oh, <coughs> I, do you remember it a lot? Yeah. Do you remember? Do you think you remember that more than because it was so traumatic? Uh, no. I think I always thought I wasn't a favorite child, mm -hmm. you know. Because you're a middle child. Well, the middle, the middle of eleven. Yeah. Uh, I did always. I think uh, my sister Claire said to me in later life when she had Alzheimer's, she said flat out, she said, "You know, Mad didn't like you because you looked like Pop's family." I was like, "What?" I didn't know she didn't like me. It's just the the thing she had come to. Uh -huh. I think I might have been a bit rebellious. Right. Like you doing know, what? Just talking back. Yeah. You know, just talking back. Mm -hmm. You know, like now. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, I think I was a bit, um, yeah, a bit rebellious. I. What was something you would get hit for? Um, and at what age, do you think? Oh, a big, oh, I was working already at this point. Mm -hmm. A big thing that I remember, and I regretted it, but it, it wasn't my fault. Okay. Like everything else. You don't regret it that much. You don't regret it that much. No, I, I went to work. And What age would this have been? That would have been 17, maybe. Okay. <clears throat> and I'd had a nice job in a travel agency. Mm -hmm. I was a new travel agency in town, and I was the first girl, office girl. But yeah. he... He would give me nothing to do all day, and then he'd pile it all on at about quarter past five when I wanted to go home. Right. <clears throat> and so I, I talked my mother into um, letting me go to work in the pottery where all my friends were. 
mm-hmm. and and I used the fact that I would get get more because we'd be doing piecework and you'd get paid according to what you did, and uh, she didn't want me to leave the nice job to go there, but I went there and then. One day I came home from work at lunchtime and my sister's bike was missing. And my mother said, what did you do with the bike? Mm-hmm. And I'd had it, I'd borrowed it the evening before. And I said, I brought the bike. Where did you leave the bike? I brought the bike home. You didn't. You're always leaving it outside. And she you know, was sure somebody had stolen it just being left outside the house. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, I um, I know I, I brought it home because we would bring the bike through the house. Mm-hmm. And we had a long hallway that went out to the back, yeah. by the kitchen area there. And I know that I bumped the wall mm-hmm. with the bike because yeah. I remember thinking, oh, God, they're going to kill me if they hear that. Yeah. I bumped the wall with the bike. So I knew I brought the bike in, but I was nevertheless being blamed for... Um, losing the bike or leaving the bike out mm-hmm. and um, so I got mad and I was you know arguing and then I cursed what'd you say? I don't remember you do too <laughs> what'd you say? I don't know it wasn't terrible we, we want to know what you said is this on the radio? Of course. it's on the podcast I think I said god damn it or something you know, like, you never believe me. You always believe him. You always, you know. Yeah. It was one of those things. Yeah. And she was so mad at me for being profane. Yeah. <clears throat> That's an unforgivable sin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I took you, off. Yeah. Took off through the door from the living room into the little hallway and then out. <clears throat> and, oh, my mom, first of all, my mom had sort of believed me until my dad came home. Yeah. And then my dad started in saying, you leave that thing out all the time. Yeah. <clears throat> and then... He was home for his lunch break as yes. well? Because the butcher shop was just right around the corner from the house. And up a little bit, yeah. But not far. Like, no, you not could far. get there so in walking. a minute. Yeah. yeah. And so he... He said, you always leave it outside. And he was giving out to me. And which, considering I looked like his family, what was he, why was he picking on me, you know? So anyway, that's when I said it, you know. Um, and then I knew the minute it came out of my mouth mm-hmm. that I better run yeah so i took off out the door yeah and slammed the door behind me slammed the second door behind me yeah and ran down the lane and then i heard him opening the door mm-hmm. and he said you wait you wait till you come back here mm-hmm. you just wait till you come back here and i just did that with my hair you know i said i'm not coming back where did i think i was going i don't know yeah. <clears throat> no money no nothing i'm not coming back and i kept walking and I went down around the corner to the lower main street and um, I just was walking and I was angry and just mad at the world. And then all of a sudden I realized I felt him. Yeah. He was running but creeping yeah. behind me. Yeah. And I took off. And he, I chased down the back lanes and everywhere. Yeah. And he got me, caught me uh-huh. and brought me home and... I do remember that they sort of threw me into the house. You know? Yeah. So it was terrible. And then I I went into the bedroom. He threw me in. And I went in the bedroom and I closed the door behind me. And at that time, the, the switch, the light yeah. switch on the wall, yeah. was like a big bumpy thing. You yeah. know, it was a lump. And I, I braced my heels against the floor 
and I held my hand against that thing uh-huh. so that he couldn't get in the door. Yeah. So this now is getting serious. You know, it's deadly serious to yeah. be fighting like this. <clears throat> and he ran at the door and pushed it, and that switch thing came off the wall, mm-hmm. which is, you know, horrible. Yeah. So my sister had a like a raincoat. Well, you know your your Mac. What do you call that thing? trench coat? She had a big trench coat, and I grabbed that and I ran and I got way up in the corner of the bed with the trench coat. But no, they beat me with a hairbrush that day. So, Both of your parents? No, just one. She did. She was so mad that I upset him. So he him. he. What did he do when he got into the room? I, I think he was probably exhausted from bringing right. the room because so then, my dad was not a. He didn't punish. You know, yeah. my mom was the one who punished. So your dad, did your dad ever hit you? Um, I don't remember him hitting me. So probably, probably not. No. And, you know, I, I get it because there were so many of us. Yeah, and they were my mother was working so hard. And we weren't awful kids. We never got in any trouble or anything. Yeah. Um, but she was very rigid about we had to be well behaved. We had to have a clean face. We had to wash our hands. So you're you're 17, so that's... Basically, you're an adult at that point. Nah. I mean... I left 12. Really? Yeah. So, but <clears throat> a grown woman beating a 17-year-old with a hairbrush... Yeah. Um, feels like that has to be more violent than the way someone spanks a child. just was at me because I... But, like, you're big enough at that point that it's dangerous. Like, I... Well, I would never have hit back... Yeah, but no. I would think that even among parents who... There's that thing, I think, among parents who, like, spank their kids or beat their kids. Their kids do get to the point where they get to an age where you run... You're making a calculated... You're taking a calculated risk that your adolescent isn't going yeah. to, at some point, oh, fight no, back. Oh, I no, was, I was sort of timid, even yeah. though I was talking back... I was timid. That but can you imagine someone... Uh, can you imagine... Can you imagine you raising your fist to me? No. no. But I'm, I would never hurt anybody. I will say that I then didn't go back to work. Uh-huh. I stayed in bed crying. I had, was bruised on my knees. So she hit you on your knees with a... With hairbrush. Hairbrush? Yeah. That seems so weird I to was me. heartbroken. Really heartbroken. I thought this How was... How many crazy. times did she hit you on the knees with Enough the hairbrush? Enough to make... To raise welts on me. But she felt bad I, about it immediately. Yeah. And she came in and said, come on, uh, come on and get a cup of tea. No, I didn't want a cup of tea. Weird. And then she came to give me a cigarette. Uh-huh. Was, you know. Right. Because everybody smoked. She came to give me a cigarette and she started trying to like bribe me. Mm-hmm. She didn't have enough stuff to bribe me to make it right. worth not being mad at her, you know. Yeah. But, where was the bike? Ah. Uh, the bike... Uh, my youngest brother came in, uh-huh. and he had to. After I brought the bike in, he had taken the bike out and he left it down at Doyle's shop. This is Dermot. Yeah, yeah. He what, was just a kid. What conversation happened after that? Nobody chased him out of the house. Of course, he didn't curse back at them. I guess. Yeah, but was there any acknowledgement of the fact that they Not had been really. wrong? No, because I cursed at them. Yeah. You know, but. Um, but you regretted, you regretted cursing at them. I, I regretted cursing at them, but I was angry because they didn't believe me. Right. I knew I was telling the truth, and she was okay until my dad came in, and then, yeah. and then she said, "You always, he's right. You always, blah blah." You know. Yeah. But I hadn't that time. Right. And um, 
So, but Isn't that I strange didn't... to think about, though, because uh, it's strange to think about that you were ever in a situation where you were that much in the right, and it never, and it got publicly revealed that you were that much in the right, yeah. and that you would never have a conversation about it. Yeah, and they never, they never walloped uh, Dermot for it. You know, he right. didn't get a, a box in the ear. You know, yeah. but he was the baby. He was the boy. You know, yeah. boys. Boys were treated a little bit better than girls, I think. Yeah? Yeah. Just like girls had to help and stuff around the house. And boys, maybe they had to chop wood. But we had to chop wood as well. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they weren't sent to get the groceries or buy milk or anything like that. At, at what point do you think? Because it's hard. I can certainly, I can't imagine a situation in which if... if uh, <coughs> If, I mean, I, can, I also can't imagine a circumstance. I mean, you spanked me a little bit when I was a, very young, I think, but yeah, never much. Never very, never, very, yeah. never very much. Well, the, wor the worst I ever remember was that, okay, how old would you have been? She was only three. So you would have been eight. Yeah. And I used to, when you were having a temper tantrum or they wouldn't mind or something, right. I used to get the yardstick and I'd hit the... I'd hit the wall or something. And say, yeah. You better behave yourself. Blah, You'd blah. hit the wall with the yards and make a really loud noise. Make a sound. You see, and I'd say, you better behave yourself. You don't behave yourself. Blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> and the, th the threat of the threat of violence. The threat of violence, yeah. yeah. But you were not ever violent. No, but I, and I had done that a couple of times to you, I suppose. But when Brianne came yeah. along, and whatever you two were getting into, I said, you two better, where's that yardstick? And you said to me, it wasn't me. Yeah. <clears throat> and, uh, then I realized she's looking very guilty, and she, when she had seen that yardstick one time, she threw it behind the dryer. Right. Didn't she? Yeah, she hid it. Yeah, she hid it, and uh, so that was funny. But then I realized that's I that's not good. Shouldn't be banging the yardstick around, scaring little kids. Yeah. <clears throat> um. But, but we didn't get. You guys got a lot of cuddling. Uh huh. A lot of affection, a lot of cuddling, yeah, a lot of well, even just attention. Generally, attention. when you have a, when you have eleven kids and no money, yeah, uh, yeah, and she's knitting our cardigan sweaters, and she's um, there's a lot. Just the upkeep on raising eleven kids, even though as the oldest ones get a little older, they can help out a little bit, but it's still more. It's more like a mass yeah. production. It is, yeah. Well, Rita, Rita, I think really didn't get to be a child. Because mm -hmm. she was sort of like the second mother. Right. The oldest girl. But now, <coughs> but I can't imagine a scenario in which if I'd been falsely accused of something, if like if you and dad had said, you did this, and I knew I hadn't, and I denied it, and then it was later revealed very definitively oh, that I hadn't. Still, you would still be fighting about it. Uh, yeah, I find myself wishing that, <laughs> I, that I had a story like that. Because I would, and the same with you. Like, at what age do you think you went from the point of... Like, if you, if Dad said, where did you leave something? You yeah. left it somewhere, and you said, I didn't, I didn't touch it. And then it was revealed that me or Brianne had taken it. Yeah. You would not let that rest now, especially if he'd been adamant. Not till the day I die. <laughs> we, so, at some point, that sh that changed in terms of... Maybe it was just that you were no, you're no longer a like a, yeah. that's a different dyna <laughs> power dynamic with your parents. Well, I'll tell you, I I left home at nineteen, mm -hmm. and I went to Manchester, England. So would that have been the last time that they would have like raised their hand to you? Seventeen, yeah. yeah. Because um, I also then didn't go to work for about three days. Mm -hmm. 
even if I made up with her in the evening, by morning I was saying I'm not going. So that was, so that was a loss of income to the whole household, yeah, right? Yeah, because when I, when I um, whatever little bit of money we earned, we Would turned that the over. So they, it cost she them. She gave us back two shillings or something. Right. That was for the price of the movies or, or dance or but something. They never apologized. No. Damn it. All right. Was, what's the worst they ever hit anybody else? Do you remember anyone else getting in worse trouble than that? I don't know. There were many times when we'd be ch- she'd be chasing us around the apple trees, and, and she couldn't catch us, obviously, yeah. you know. And she, just you wait to come in, or I'm going to kill you. Uh-huh. <laughs> so yeah, I I think everybody probably, but I think that's the worst one I can remember. Is yours? Yeah. Yeah. It does seem as as uh, it's awful, obviously, when you think of it of you being younger than that. But there's something strange to me about the fact that you were 17. It's hard to imagine. That's such a... To a certain extent, you can understand at least why a grown adult would think they have the power over a very small child. It's easier to make sense that it's like, oh, well, of course, a, a, a grown adult is not going to be worried about an eight-year-old fighting back. I would think that there would be a great risk of a 17-year-old. That's I think today, now, yeah, there would be. But first of all, I probably wasn't 80 pounds soaking wet. Right. And I was I was considered tall. People used to say... Um, I didn't know I wasn't tall until I came to America. Yeah. <laughs> because people would come into our house and say, oh, isn't she tall? I think it was mostly because I was like a stick. Yeah. You know, I wasn't... Um, right. But what, what would you say the average height is in Ireland? Um... There are tall people in Ireland. Well, now. Now, now of my generation, I was 5'5", five five, and I had a friend who was 5'6", but she was sort of the tallest person I knew. All there were a couple of people taller. I, I remember when there was a... Do you remember me telling you about the day that um, there was the event at the store where you two um, did a book signing? Yeah. And it was closed off, and I was... Oh, yeah. You I were... was assigned to wait by the freight elevator yeah. and make sure no one got into that area, and when you two walked past, I was sort of amazed that they were all little Irish guys. Yeah. They, Bono, who, even at this age, when you see Bono on TV and things like that, even at this age, Bono still projects a certain kind of... But you know they of, shoot him from below a lot. But he always seems... Lo- he seems... I was very surprised that I realized that um, if if you, had dr- you could dress up Michael as Bono and he wouldn't be a million miles... No, you could dress... My uncle, Michael. You could dress Michael up as... He was uh, Shemp, no, Curly Larry Moe, which is the one with the bangs. Uh, Moe. Moe. Yeah. You could dress Michael up as Moe because he did that one year for Halloween. looked exactly like Like, like Moe Howard? Yeah. From the Three Stooges? Yeah. Um, but Bono doesn't look well, that... Well, I'm taller than Michael. You're probably taller than Bono then, too. Yeah, I'm taller than Michael because Michael... And Michael was... Is Michael getting shorter? shorter than me. I'm getting shorter as well. But I'm asking, is Michael also <laughs> getting shorter? I'm sure. Yeah. I can't be the only one shrinking. Yeah. Um, but no, I before I had my back surgery, when we went over for what a wedding yeah. to the west of Ireland mm-hmm. for Brian's wedding, and because I was having back problems, I wasn't wearing high heels, you yeah. know. And my brother-in-law said to me, "Did you get short? <laughs> That's, yeah. You know. Did you get any smarter? No." Mm. Um. <laughs> 
Yeah, I remember, but I remember thinking, I remember being very surprised because so many of our trips to Ireland were based around weddings or thing, uh, yeah. things where everyone would go to the church and there'd be a very yeah. traditional yeah. kind of mass of some sort. Sure. And my assumption, my assumption was, oh, everyone does this all the time. Everyone's well, very religious. And they did at the time. It, it, it's all gone it to hell in the handbasket yeah. because... But I remember being very surprised when yeah. I got to the point where I wasn't sitting at the kids' table and it would, was like around the conversations the way that everyone over there would refer to the Catholic Church as a bunch of gangsters and thieves. And well, Claire, my sister Claire always said to me, what is wrong with you? You're the last one. Uh, but they would all go to the, to the church for a wedding. Oh, look! And all their children's had big weddings in the yeah. church, and all of the all the children, the next generation, were baptized, mm -hmm. and they got dressed to the hilt for first communion, confirmation, all those things. Yeah. But nobody believes in it. Yeah. Nobody. I was the last holdout, and Claire said to me, "It's a big business. Yeah. It's not a. It's a big business. Is what it is." <laughs> I think did they all want? Did, did they all watch uh, uh, Philomena when it came out? Did did that come out over there? The I'm Steve sure Coogan, it did. Judy movie. Oh, but you, you see, they knew all That's that. That's all old they, news to them. It's old news to them because that was a little play on the Magdalene Laundries, which right. the, was it the Fairley Brothers, who had done the Mag. Can't imagine two? it was the Fairley. No, brothers. no, no. Who are the the Fairley Brothers who did? There's something about Mary. Oh, stop! There are two guys <laughs> who, from Boston. <laughs> Two guys, yeah. <laughs> and they're of Irish ancestry. Yeah, I don't know who it was. Okay, well then Google, but, <laughs> Google, right. Google the Magdalene Laundries. I, I don't. I, Maybe their name is O'Farrell. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> Stop I don't making fun that, of me, or I'm I don't, putting an I'm end just to this. To imagine I'm going to unplug from you. From the guys who brought you, there's something about Mary, <laughs> a, a hard-hitting drama about the Magdalene Laundries. <laughs> no, um, it was it was a book, and it was on. I mean, they did a story about it on ABC. 2020, all those shows, and it was a horrific story, mm -hmm. and it was in my lifetime, and it was true, and young girls who, in some cases in country, little country places, where the girl wouldn't, was supposed to be in by 9.30 and she didn't come in until after 10, and the father had her put away in this, the Peter, priest... Peter Mullen, I think, directed that's it. the... But that's it, sorry. Yeah, he wrote and directed it. Peter Mullen, who's yeah. a very good actor. Well, that's a movie, and it's about these young girls without... I haven't seen that one. I've without, seen... Oh, you need to see it. Without judge or jury, they... Um, young girls, because they were caught kissing a guy or whatever. Yeah. And the father went to the priest, and they put them in this um, c convent laundry. And they basically were enslaved. Yeah. And that... Really, that was in my lifetime. And um, they they were having to scrub the floors and just it was just the scenes from um, what was that one uh, Bernadette? No, what was her name? The other movie. Which one? With Judy Dench. Philomena. Uh, well, you saw her and the other girl doing laundry work. Yeah. So that was a typical thing. Right. And they some girls um, like never came out, were never let out. Yeah. They were full-grown women. And they took their, you know, they took their childhood away from them. And they took their children, if anybody was pregnant, they took, if somebody did go in because they were pregnant. That's not a sin or a crime, by the way. Yeah. But it was treated like a crime. Yeah. And it's horrific. I could not believe it. That's the first I ever heard was so that the wasn't, Mullins. 
So before that, that was just like, uh, do you think adults knew about it? Um, or, you know, I don't think there's hardly a town in Ireland probably that doesn't have up in the woods a an orphanage. Right. Now. Yeah. Yeah. Out between, out past Arco, uh, Wooden Bridge to uh, Avoca. Yeah. On that road, there's a place, and it was called. It was called the Mount or something. And we never really saw those kids, but that was an orphanage, and I believe that now that's probably what was going on there. <clears throat> and my my mother fostered, yeah, just what she really needed to do after having... She fostered kids? She fostered a child because the grandmother... When was this? Uh, after? When I was grown, yeah, yeah. Okay. And Kathleen was a little girl who lived across the street, and she lived with her grandmother. I think I don't know what her family situation was or had there been a dad or what but she was raised by her grandmother and the grandmother was old and dying I believe and she asked my mother if she would take Kathleen and I don't know how all that worked it's it's way around what years would this have been I think this might have been 1960 62-ish, mm-hmm. just about the time I think I went to England. <coughs> and and my mother tried, but Kathleen was, she was just a little, she's just a little girl, you know, but she wasn't as obedient, except for the cursing I did. Right. She wasn't as, ob- she didn't mind my mother. Right. And my mother was very afraid that she was going to get in some sort of trouble. Right. You know what that always is in Ireland. <coughs> and... um she was 11 or 12, maybe, and my mother caught her somewhere wearing bright eyeshadow and lipstick. Mm-hmm. And it was a big no-no. Yeah. You know, getting ahead of herself. She wasn't old enough to be... Right. Uh, ...dressing like a, a floozy. Right. And it's just now all little small kids wear it now. It's not, not hurting anybody. Yeah. But that's just the way it was. <clears throat> and uh, then she was she was sneaking out and... She was doing stuff my mother couldn't be responsible for her. Yeah. And so she, what did she do? Um, she gave her up. So where did she go? Back and to I the orphanage? I think she went into that orphanage. Mm. Now, we always have some guilt about that. Yeah. I think I was gone, and then when I came, I think my mother had her for a couple of years. But <clears throat> my mother was not getting any younger. She was older and, you know. Yeah. Was there any, did any of you ever see her after that? Claire, Claire saw her somewhere in town I guess and she was married and had a child Mm. so you know she did okay but we had great guilt I remember bringing her clothes home from England and we did like the rest of us the girls we did because it was another little girl you know we did a lot of stuff for her but there were things like I came home and I don't even know what this was even at my age I I guess it might have been like a yeast infection. Can we talk about yeast infections? On yeah, the of course. I think it might have been, but I'd never seen, I'd never had anything like that. I didn't know what it was. And my mother said, Kathleen has something wrong with... Now, for some reason, when I grew up, my mother thought I was the nurse. Right. That if a child fell and split her chin open, I was the one that took her to the doctor's office. Right. That's why they put that big curly, yeah, yeah. pin in her chin. I was always having to do that stuff. And... um she said, uh, so Kathleen had something wrong. 
in our nether regions. And, you know, that's not something we didn't, we didn't grow up where we had gym in school, where right. any of us ever saw, yeah. you know, uh, what another kid looked like. And, and I was a grown-up at this time, pretty much. And um, so I had to bring her in the bedroom and say, it's be okay, just let me have a look. Right. You know, it had to be terrifying for her as right. well. Yeah. You know? And, but I tried to be, like, gentle with her and say... Did you know what it was? I had no idea what it was. Yeah. I still don't know what it was. But I think it might have been something like a... a, a urinary tract infection gets, or something. Yeah, yeah, something. She was very puffy. Right. And swollen. So what did you do? <clears throat> uh, my mother called Dr. Connolly. And... Um, so you were just like, I don't know what it is, and then they called the doctor. They called the doctor. Yeah. And he came down... And strangely, I was the one that dealt with him like she was mine. I wasn't old enough to have, have, you know, a kid that big. But he just said whatever it was, and I guess I'd never heard of it. Yeah. And uh, so he gave ointment or something for it. But I remember that very clearly, you know. And, like, I wouldn't have liked anybody, even my sisters or anybody at that time, to say, just lie down here, let me have a look at you. I'd been kicking and screaming, you know. And um, she... Yeah, I, I always, I've always wondered where she went and how she's doing, and you know. But my mom said I just couldn't. She said she was smoking behind what's her back. Her, and what's her last name? She, her last name was Newsom. Newsom. Yeah. Did she take the O'Connor name while she was there? No. Or no? no. Okay. So yeah. she was always a Newsom. Newsom. And so I don't know. I think she had family out around Avoca. Yeah. Right. I think she had family, but. She lived with this grandmother. <clears throat> Do you remember any Christmases where she was she around for like a Christmas? I think I was away. You were away. Yeah. What and you... let's face it, our Christmas in our house wasn't anything like the Christmas you have in your house. Right. <laughs> what do you remember of Christmases? Um, like our... what? What are defined? <laughs> what were when you were growing up? What were the sort of the markers of Christmas? Christmas, like uh, presumably it wouldn't happen. Like, we we basically have once Halloween start Halloween. Oh yeah. Once Halloween finishes, which you don't ha- didn't have Halloween over there. Oh yeah, we have Halloween. You had Halloween over there. And not like with all the sparkly stuff you guys have. Here. What would you do for Halloween? We would dress when you were up. You dress up. Clothes from your mother's closet mm-hmm. or whatever. Would you go trick or treating? Uh, yeah, we didn't call it trick or treating. What'd you call it? Begging. Because keep in mind, it originated over there. Yeah. Um. And they, you, it was begging basically, but you'd say. But it was begging for Halloween. Can you give me something for the bobbing? For the bobbing. Yeah. And what's that mean? The bobbing is bobbing for apples. Yeah. But what do you mean, give me something for the bobbing? Because pre- presumably you get apples out of bobbing. You don't give something for bobbing, do you? Well, they'd give nuts. Don't you remember being in Ireland for Halloween? Yeah. And you were so thrilled. Yeah. And you said they gave me a whole apple. Like you never saw a whole apple before. Yeah. They gave you apple. They gave you nuts, and I think they gave you pennies. Yeah. And it's not like here where you have like a mountain of candy. But it's getting more that way now. It is. Oh, it is. Uh, now. The American influence of it's Halloween is, has yeah. spilled back over there. But it was. And we different. would get together in a house, and they'd have the bowl, a ba- actually a bathtub with water, and put the and you have to put your head down and try to try to get. You would do bobbing for apples in a bathtub. It's waterboarding. <laughs> but no, you guys would do bobbing for apples in your bathtub. Well, in a tin tub. Okay, you know, not you. Kind of but was tub. it the tub that you took baths in? Uh, I think so. <laughs> oh, no, that's <laughs> So you guys would do bobbing for apples, and then <coughs> then clean it out, and then it would just be a, a bath basin. Yeah. All right. I don't remember the cleaning that part. Okay. Um. <laughs> um. 
but and then, he, yeah. And then uh, for Christmas, we'd have a tree, mm-hmm. and it would be not anything like our trees. Like, what would it be like? Uh, smaller, for one thing. And What kind of ornaments? Ornaments? Yeah. What would you hang on the tree? Um, paper chains. Yeah? You'd make stuff? Yeah. Oh, you could buy those fancy paper chains, and you'd pull them out. You wouldn't and buy they, them. And they'd put them... From corner to from the corner of the room into where the light fixture was on the ceiling, mm-hmm. from all four corners. Yeah, and then <clears throat> in between those, they would stick balloons. They'd, mm-hmm. they'd put a, um, a pin in balloon up to the up to, into the ceiling. Yeah. So basically, and then it was a lot of holly behind the picture frames and yeah. on the mantel and stuff. It wasn't anything really ornate at all. Anything really like fancy or expensive, but we did. On Christmas Eve, there was one shop in town, and it, it the main floor of this shop was groceries, and then it had a big wide stairs. I thought it was a huge wide stairs. I think if I saw it now, it would be just a regular stairs. I know. I think I know that store. Upstairs, yeah. they had, I thought it was huge, but it really was just a little square, and they had, in the center, they had a, um, like shelves, like a, like a pyramid of shelves, yeah. and, and you had to go in and go to the right, and over in the corner... There was a little kind of cubby hole where Santa sat. Yeah. And uh, I didn't know then he was the son of the shop owner. <clears throat> so he came out and And we... the size of that store, I would say it would be like a moderate-sized Dwayne Reed that had a second story in New York would be about the size of that. Not a, not a not huge a big, Dwayne no, Reed. Not a big, no, not not a big Dwayne yeah. Reed, but like yeah. sort of a mid-sized one yeah. if it had a second level. And it also sold hardware, yeah. and it sold fuel. You yeah. know, so, uh, but one of the counters as you went in was, was groceries. But upstairs they had... Um, and they this, called it a grotto, right? Uh, Santa's yeah, grotto. Santa's grotto, that's yeah. right. And so he was lovely, and you just talked to him. Who was it? John Anthony yeah. was his name. And uh, you'd give him your wishes. And he, you know, as a, now as an adult, I know, he was a big, good-looking, dark-haired guy. Mm-hmm. But they had a, you know, cotton wool... But would you recognize him when you no. you wouldn't? Oh so you no, would totally believed it. Okay. Totally believed it. And that was a day that we got a little bit of money. Yeah. But it might be three pence or maybe six pence. Yeah. If times were better, and on Christmas Eve, we got to go and they had they had toys and household stuff, and over in one far corner they had coloring books and the kind of coloring books that you you wet the mm-hmm. you wet the brush. Right. And then... On the colors in the paper. Yeah. They were a big deal. Or maybe little uh, dress-up dolls that you push out and and dress. Mm -hmm. So that might be three pence or six pence. Yeah. And we would get to buy something for ourselves on Christmas Eve. Yeah. So that was a huge deal. And um, then uh, we... I didn't know at the time, of course, that my mother had been paying off stuff like lay, what they call layaway here yeah. she, they just call it paying off she would have picked something for everybody yeah. and they would be held until she got them paid off yeah. on Christmas and but we didn't get like a lot of stuff you'd get like one thing right? and then our own stocking that we wore that day was the stocking that got pinned up in the fireplace yeah. and so when, as we got bigger we realized we should be wearing knee socks thinking we'd get more stuff but right. you know you'd get an orange You'd get a one packet of sweets like pastilles, those little mm-hmm. tubes of sweets, and you might get a new handkerchief. Yeah, that would be the stocking. That's what you're getting tomorrow, by the way. Yeah. Um, but then, 
you get one thing. And one time, um, my younger, the younger kids did better than we did because by that time, some of the older ones were earning money. So uh, my sister Bernie, uh, she got a little, a little uh, toy piano, mm-hmm. and we were trying to go to sleep, and we could hear this music, and we started yelling up to her mother, "We hear music!" Or <laughs> and it was her. She couldn't, she couldn't not play this little piano, and she said, "Go to sleep. That's the reindeer. Mm-hmm. That's Santa." He's not going to come here if you're not asleep, you know. So, but she used to do this thing where she would go out uh, at midnight Mm -hmm. and stand in the front door and the church bells, all the church bells rang Mm -hmm. at midnight. And she would say the next day, day, oh, I saw Martha, her friend, I could see Martha's breath. Mm -hmm. So she was in her door and then there was a crabby old lady at the top of the lane and she was called, um, Mary Kieran was her name, but she was called Mary Goosey. <laughs> and and she was like just a horrible little old woman and she would a beaky, beaky face. And if you stepped on her, her door opened right out onto the street. Mm-hmm. And if you stepped on her little flagstone step, yeah. um, that door would open Instantly, it's like yeah. she was looking to see if some, somebody, and she'd yell at you for stepping on her step. Mm-hmm. But yeah, my mother would say, yeah, Mary Goosey was looking out, I could see her mm-hmm. breathing up there. So, you know, although it just tells you the simplicity of the time, yeah. that they stood outside to hear the church bells. Yeah. And the, the factory horn would go, and the lifeboat down in the harbor would go, mm-hmm. would beep, or yeah. blow its horn. It's very strange to think of uh, how there's not really, like, we think of it as a long period of time, but increasingly there's not that big a gap between you being a kid and having Christmas and me being a kid having Christmas. No, because we're the same age now anyway. Basically. Yeah. Yeah, you and I are the same age, basically. Yes. Uh, no, but if you think, like, yeah. as, as as you get older, portions of your life that used to be half of your life become a smaller oh, yeah. portion of your yeah, life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's very... Like the part that's coming. It's very <laughs> weird. It's very weird to think uh, of how short a distance it is in time from you getting uh, a paper doll and some pastilles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And me getting a uh, Chuck Jones uh, limited edition uh, cell. Yeah. Which was cost more money yeah. than was spent on all of us kids for probably our whole lives. Right. And know? still, but, uh, I still talk about that. I still, that's still, uh, now, how old was I? That was 1985, I think, 1984, 85, maybe 83, maybe 83. I was either 8, 9, or 10. Did we do that at Disney World? No. That, well, what we, what happened was, I'll talk to Dad about this, what happened was, we went to Disney World... And you saw it. No, 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 no. There was, what would have been the first trip to Disney World? We went twice, right? Uh, well, you... We went in 84, because I remember it was Donald Duck's 50th birthday was being celebrated that summer. And we but had I think gone we two went before years there. before that. Two years and before... Was still, you know, in the stroller. Two years before was the trip where they had the Disneyana shop. And yes. this was still a very new thing. And the Disneyana shop <coughs> was in Fantasyland. There was a little tiny shop that sold rare... Disney collectibles that were like high-end collectibles. Yeah. And the walls were lined with production cells 
from various Disney animated movies. Remember, there was some Pete's Dragon, there was some uh, um, Robin Hood, Jungle Book. There were different, all like vintage things. And I think there was, I was like, I remember saying to Dad, like, Dad, that's, it was like $25 for one of them. And yeah. I remember Dad saying something along the lines of, I'm not going to, not paying twenty five dollars for that, <laughs> and I was like, "No, no, it's one of a kind. This yeah. is the one. These are the ones that they filmed." Wasn't there a shop at the airport as well? That's so. There was a shop at the airport that yeah. had cells, and I was like, yeah. "Dad, they have more production yeah. cells. <laughs> these are rare. They don't make them anymore." We're just trying to get you on the, tr- on and, the plane. And then I think a year later, the production, the animation art market exploded. And suddenly, and I guess we bought it in Clayton. In well, the, Louis, suddenly they became worth Kirkwood. hundreds and thousands of dollars. Yeah. These same things that were garbage a year yeah. or two earlier. That in yeah. terms of their well, the the ones you could have gotten in in the beginning were whole whole cells of something, and after that they were selling somebody's mouth wide open, and all you were seeing really was his throat. Yeah, yeah, terrible. Ones. Um, but I so I think I got that present largely off of. Uh, that dad felt foolish that he, <laughs> he had not followed the advice of an eight-year-old. Uh, that was like, this think, is a good investment, dad. If you think yeah. that he had Santa anything Claus to do with that. had anything to do with ever. No, anything. no, but I think that loosened up his... Uh, his grip on his credit card. Yeah, because then Chuck Jones had a, an exhibit at Clayton Art Gallery, and we went. That's right. We went to see that. Yeah, yeah. There was an. I remember there was an article about it in the Post Dispatch. I remember reading about it, and I remember you guys took me to the Clayton Art Gallery, and they had a, the walls were just covered in. Yeah. And those weren't production cells. Those are Chuck Jones would do a, yeah. new drawings, and they would m- sort of do a run of a few hundred. Yeah. And then he would sign them. I always regret that you didn't write to him after we went to see him. Right. Because he said, Yeah. If you write to me, I will. He would do a drawing for, yeah. you know, uh, I will write back. We just never did it. Um, but uh, then I still remember, so that, you guys got me that for Christmas, and I still remember being shocked by it because I was aware that, that it was, I think, $350 yeah. for that cell. Um, and I've never taken it with me anywhere at time that I've gone because it's the one thing that I'm. I always sort of feel like if my apartment gets robbed wherever I'm at, yeah. I know I still yeah. have that. I'm counting on nothing happening. We could have, a few years back when those you teenagers think I, broke into I'm the house take, and damaged oh, stuff, yeah, those two they, could have, those, they, they wrecked your uh, room and what did they take? Stupid stuff. Yeah. They took bay- bayonets from Dad's collection. Yeah, they could yeah. have just come right upstairs taking that yeah. Chuck Jones off the wall. Yeah. Well, even all Dad's soldiers, they're yeah. right there. You know, you, you can put those in your hand. They took alcohol. They went to prison, right? Stuff. And they took my camera. They're probably out now, though, right? One of them went to prison. One the of them went one, to prison. The other one turned him in. Yeah. Yeah, but they'd been in trouble. Though I felt bad because it's someone's kid, you know. Yeah. But they, the policeman said to me, "Don't feel bad. Those two have been in the system." What was the thing they took that got them caught? It was the, the red. camera? No camera. Oh, the red phone from the kitchen. They took the red phone. And it wasn't. It wasn't it a wasn't, fancy phone. It was a red phone. It was a cheap phone. Like a gel, gel like a looking gel, color. Yeah. And they. They took that, but you know, it's not like it wasn't a cell phone. It was just a plug-in phone. Yeah, it was a landline phone. And Brianna, one of them must have thought it was cool. Yeah, he did. He was like a magpie. He just went for the color. And the next day, uh, they ran a red light, and the police went after them for running the red light. 
and they realized the police were just, the idiots. They got out of their car and ran. Yeah. And the guy, they said, was wearing like a long, full-length coat. Yeah. And he had the red phone in his pocket, in the pocket of his coat. Right. Where do you think he was going to plug that in? Yeah. And so uh, they knew immediately. But I didn't, when they called, they said, we think we've got him. Are you missing a, a video camera? And I didn't know, yeah. you know, what was gone. But I knew that Dad had that in the bedroom, and I had, like, the day before, I had moved it into the hall closet. <coughs> and I looked, and it was gone. <coughs> Are you feeling better or worse now? I'm feeling worse. You made me talk. Oh, I'm sorry. And okay, we'll end this now. Is that it? Bye. Yeah. Um, I thought I didn't have enough to talk to you about. Well, we just got yeah. started, now we're going to end. Yakety, yakety. Okay. Bye. Bye. And now we're jumping to some more from the Ratliff family. Now, I uh, I recorded a little bit with uh, Brianne, a little bit with Mom yesterday. What? Just talking. Oh. Yeah. It's Christmas Eve, 5.30, December 24th. Um, no, the episode 6 of 12 Hour Day mm-hmm. uh, with J.D., we walked around, and uh, there was one segment where there was a recording error. We noticed, oh, it stopped recording. We thought we'd missed a few minutes, but it actually had corrupted two hours' worth of the yeah, I saw recording. That. And so uh, J.D. and I are recording stuff to fill in, the, to make up the time. I actually think we're going to end up, we're taking two, a two-hour gap, and I'm already contributing at least two hours, possibly three hours, and JD is also recording stuff in Illinois, so we could be taking a ten-hour podcast and adding four to six hours to it, or something. I don't know. Um, so, no pressure. There's not. This is. This will be deep into the podcast. Uh, you'll never hear it. You'll never hear this. Hmm. Uh, <coughs> you've been. You've had a cough for um, how long now? Three weeks. December third. December third. Today is the twenty fourth. So figure that out. Twenty one days. Yeah. Uh, Three weeks. And I don't. I don't reckon that you're going to be rid of this cough for at least a week. No. That's my guess. Yes. Four weeks. So you're going to have. A, you're going to go a full month with this cough, which I normally have. That I normally have a cough that I get once. Once I get it in the winter, I sort of don't lose it. It's not as. Not always intense, but it's sort of. I, this is the first year in a while that I haven't gotten it. No. You will. Maybe not. You'll get it from me. I've given it to everybody so far. I don't think so. Uh, Mom's been sick. Brianne's been a little bit not feeling great. I'm the only person in the house who's feeling great. Yeah, it'll hit you when you get back. It's yeah. a delayed no. thing. I think because... Subliminal. I think New York City uh, has built up my antibodies. I think I... I you know, New York walk City around, is a giant Petri dish. Yeah, I walk around in such filth all the time mm-hmm. that... Uh, <coughs> <coughs> There is. I want to make sure that the recording quality on that cough is good, so that feel free, people listening to this, to take that cough and use it as a uh, a beat. Mix that into a dance track. If you can use that cough as some sort of percussive bass for a dance track, that's really what I want to hear happen. So you'll hear the cough happen. I'll try not to talk over it when it does happen, and I hope that people listening to this will extract that. Does cough. anybody listen to this this far into it? Yeah, they do. So people have nothing to do in their lives. Oh, don't, that's not a way to get people on your side. You can't start <laughs> criticizing. 
Now you're milking it. You're playing it up. Um, I'll be all right. <laughs> um, the yeah, there are people who listen to it as soon as we post it from start to finish. Twelve hours of their life listening to two other people talk about their lives. We're not just talking about our lives. Often we're experiencing. We're going out. We're walking around uh, frequently even though we try to schedule them for days where we don't have anything happening, there are things we've had to do. Like, there are sometimes when I have to do my grocery shopping, sometimes when J.D. has to take, like, business calls and things like that, or I'll have an appointment I have to go to or something. Um, but a lot of times people are listening to it, like, most of the time when I'm listening to podcasts, it's in the morning before uh, Barnes & Noble is open. So I'll usually listen from, like, 7.30 till 10, I'll usually listen to a few podcasts, or in the case of a longer podcast, part of a podcast. So I think a lot of people are in jobs where they are doing stuff all day or they're waiting around and they're, la- and they're in a situation where they are either listening to the radio or listening to podcasts or things like that while they work. This will pass the time. A lot of, some people will listen to them if they have a big... Um, people who are like traveling will use it on flights or on long train rides or on their commute. Like I usually have... At least an hour a day, sometimes more, where I'm on the train. I'm usually usually using to listen to either music or audiobooks or podcasts. I have very slowly been working my way through <coughs> through the audio uh, book. I've been trying to go. I'm still on the first one, uh, and I have been for a while because I'll forget about it for months on end, and then realize, oh, I have this. The um, Lyndon Johnson, uh, the Robert Caro. The trilogy that he wrote, I wasn't... Well, there's four of them so far, and he's not done yet. He's still got, I think, a fifth book that's due to come out. So I'm still... Every now and then I'll listen to a few hours of... I'm still at the point where he's, I think, in his early 20s. Oh, my goodness. Uh, So he's still at the point where, like, he's having trouble passing the bar. Mm Um he thought there was a way that he could get his uh, law license through doing it through another state. He's trying everything to, to get, and he just wants it to have his law license then to then pursue other things, I think. But he's, uh, I'm still in the early, all the hill country early days, him running away and, and talking about how, uh, he embellishes all this later would embellish all the stories about the days when he was, on the run or on like on his own as a kid when he'd run off. Have you ever read the um, the Power Broker? Yeah, I tells read me that a long time ago. A long time ago. Uh, it's okay. How's your because uh, how's your uh, reading going this year? Because it diminished. You lost your sort of I lost appetite, my ability to focus. Yeah, you know, I picked it up again. I've now read. Uh, I've read a series of books that were written in 1900 about the French and Indian War. I read six of those. There was a, a six. It was a volume, six part. Six volume. Six volume. Yeah, I read that. Who's that by? Uh, guy. Gosh, I can't remember his name now, but he wrote a huge number of books around the turn of the century, the 19th, 20th century. Yeah. And uh, I can't remember his name, but it was, they were very interesting. And then I've written written. Uh, a couple of World War II books by Lynn Deaton. He wrote one on Blitzkrieg. 
you hear all about Blitzkrieg in the Germans, but yeah. they only really did it in France. Yeah. Everything else never really came together for them to do it. They just really worked in France, and that's about the only place. And now I'm reading a series of books on Theodore Roosevelt. Uh-huh. And I read, watched the Ken Burns special. Now, which of the... Are you reading... Is it that, that the... Um the three-part yeah. series, yeah. Yeah, I'm re- reading the rise of Theodore Roosevelt now, and uh, fascinating character. He read a book a day. He was a speed reader, mm-hmm. which was unusual back in 1880s and 1890s. Yeah, and just a, a ball of energy, just yeah. constantly doing things. But you think about it, he's the only president that won the Nobel Prize, Peace Prize, was president of the United States, climbed the Matterhorn when he was 15. Yeah, won the Medal of was awarded the Medal of Honor for his actions in the Spanish-American War. I mean, the amount of stuff this guy left, tons of letters. He wrote more letters than anybody, I think. Yeah. And uh, correspondence. He wrote, I think, 35 books that were, a lot of them, very well-received Yeah. stuff. So just amazing amount of stuff that he did in his life, crammed into 60 years. So I'm kind of fascinated by him. Yeah. I mean, most of the, I think most of the information that I have in my head about Teddy Roosevelt is now, is all from the Ken Burns Roosevelt yeah, thing. Yeah. Whatever I knew before, I feel like has been sort of written over by mm-hmm. that special because it really did give a good overview. Yeah. Uh, and it's interesting. I, I thought it was interesting how he's kind of got a little bit of something for everybody because on the one hand. It, sort of his legacy, I think, is probably all the the amount of land that he mm-hmm. set, like the national park. Like yeah. he sort of he's the one who got really got the ball rolling. I'm like, let's preserve this part of the country. Yeah. It's nice. Mark Twain thought he was crazy. Yeah, thought he was insane. A lot for of doing people, that, for no, or for, for his war all, stuff, right? He was very uh, pro war. Yeah, but during his presidency, we didn't fight anybody. Yeah, we didn't go to war with anybody, which is kind of interesting. So, but it's um, yeah, it's kind of fascinating characters. Yeah. The other one I'm reading a little bit about is Winston Churchill, who's another kind of yeah overachiever. Yeah. But he had his ups and downs. That the downs were really pretty big downs. Yeah. <coughs> oh boy, I can't get rid of this thing. Yeah. Normally, I, actually, I think I'm probably the one normally who has. If anyone's going to have a hacky yeah, cough, usually have it. This time of year, usually I have it, and you guys are telling me like, "Oh, you got to do something about Stay that." Stay away from us, yeah. yeah. Don't you think if was I, I was Mark Twain? How hated was Mark Twain when he was alive? I don't know if he was hated, but he but, became very bitter in his last years. His last ten years, he was. A my very general bitter, sense is that everybody man. liked Mark Twain, but I feel like if Mark Twain were alive now, there'd be a, a cottage industry in hating Mark Twain. Probably so, because you had a 24-hour news cycle, and they got to come up with something. He would, yeah. But it, but like Mark Twain older, was he, such a vocal uh, critic of religion and things like that yeah. that it feels like he, it seems strange that you don't ever hear about him being particularly controversial. Yeah, and yet he was a uh, lot had a lot of interesting theories on life and yeah. religion and government and everything. Yeah, I don't know how he'd go go over today. Yeah, I'm curious. Uh, a book of his that I'm curious to read is The Gilded Age. Yeah. Which is his big sort of anti corporate. It was sort of talking about how all these huge uh, captain titans of industry were bad for the country. It was mm-hmm. sort of a. Uh, 
but there he had a the book that I've read that I haven't read it, but I I read that he thinks he had referred to it as his best book. Do you know what 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 book he thinks? This is based on one thing that I read where he was saying this was my best book. I don't know. I, or his favorite of all the books I have is no idea. Joan of Arc. Huh. He wrote a book about Joan of Arc that on the copy of the book it has a quote from him saying that he considered it his best book. Well, I never and it's heard not that. one that you... You I wouldn't never, name that no. if you were naming five books by him. No. That wouldn't be one of the five no. that would come to mind. Hmm. There'd even be books that almost no one... That aren't even among the popular ones that you'd think of before yeah. you'd even know about that book. He published Ulysses S. Grant's memoirs. Grant wrote them as he was dying of throat cancer. Mm-hmm. And he finished them himself. He finished it. And uh, he was broke, basically. Yeah. And uh, these were considered about the best of the presidential memoirs. And uh, Twain published them. And it, it kept Mrs. Grant and family mm-hmm. solvent oh, after wow. that. Yeah. Which is because of Twain, which was kind of interesting. Are those still regarded as some of the best? I think so. Yeah. Among the best. And he wrote it himself, too. Yeah. Sat on a porch and just wrote longhand. Now, Kennedy didn't write Profiles in Courage, right? No. He won the Pulitzer for that, right? Yeah. But he didn't write it. He, I think he maybe read it. Who was it they said wrote that? It did most of the writing, was it? Manchester or somebody? I can't remember exactly yeah. who it was. Somebody. I only recently found that out. I'd yeah. always assumed that he wrote that. And, uh, yeah. If you got enough money, you can hire people to write for well, you. That's the thing. Obama uh, wrote his books. Yeah. And uh, now I think the thing that happens is, like, my sense is that Clinton, Clint, Bill Clinton wrote his book. Or at least was heavily involved in mm-hmm. crafting it with whoever. I don't know if there was a, uh, but he he seemed to be spending a lot of time working on it, and that would make sense the way that you hear about Clinton working on his speeches and the way for, that he would want to. I would imagine that even if he didn't sit down and type it, that he was whoever's job it was to help him put that together. Probably was. I don't think Bill Clinton would be very hands off about it. Uh, I know that Hillary Clinton. For her books, I don't know if she's had the same person, but she's always had someone else who was uh, uh, either it's like Hillary Clinton with this person mm-hmm. or like there's a co-author or a, a second person. That seems like that's the way most of them do it now. It's where it used to be that they would just have a ghostwriter and, and would pretend they wrote it like Kennedy. Now there's sort of like the tacit acknowledgement that like, I didn't write this whole thing, but it, I did approve it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if they talk into a tape recorder or what and then... Uh which that seems legitimate. I would rather read a slightly better crafted book that had that, that was something that had been edited from things that they had said or thought. As long as it's actually coming from them, I'd rather that than read have them slave away if they're not a natural writer for years and yeah. then read a badly written book by them. Yeah, that'd be kind of painful. Yeah. Who's thought of as the? Is there a presidential memoir that's thought of as the worst? I don't know. Or those people just didn't write books. There's not that many of them, actually, I think. Uh, Well, now, like, I mean, Carter has a million books. Yeah. And he has books of Christmas poetry and stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's to the point where if you were going to get all of Jimmy Carter's books, you could fill a whole shelf with them of, I would assume, varying interest level and quality. Yeah, I don't... Reagan didn't write a memoir. No, I don't know if uh, Eisenhower did. I don't... 
George H.W. Bush had something. <coughs> George W. Bush had decision points. Clinton had his book. Did Nixon have a memoir? Nixon had something. I don't know if he wrote it or not. I remember something. Well, or about, like an know. authorized biography yeah. or something. Yeah. What about Ford? Ford had mm-hmm. something, didn't he? Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. It's more recent. It's it's in this century as opposed to last that you saw that. That's yeah. That's how you announce that you're going to run yeah. for president. Is you put out a book. Mm-hmm. Um. So I guess Jeb Bush is putting out a book now, isn't he? Well, he's already had at least one book, yeah. right? Because yeah. I think he's already gotten in trouble for something that's in one of the books he wrote. I could be misremembering that or conflating him with someone else, but <coughs> I think there was already something where Jeb Bush had said something in a book that then someone was saying. Mm-hmm. Wait, do you still stand by that? I could be misremembering that. Um, but you're back to the... But how many books would you say you read in a week or in a month? Um, now? I've slowed down. I was going through one or two a week. Yeah. And now I've slowed down a little bit, so I'm about one a week. One a week. Yeah. The... Uh, what was your... What's the fastest rate you think you've ever read books? Um, on it, like roughly. I was going through. Well, it depends on the kind of books too, because I can read these Jack Reacher novels in yeah. their fast reading. You know, some yeah. of those kind of things. Uh, Robert Cray's uh, Elvis Cole novels are. are, are Have you real read the fast. the um, the Parker novels, the the Stark? No, I haven't read those yet. I think you would like this. Uh, everything I've heard, you know, because that's that's um, Donald Westlake. Mm-hmm. That was his like pen name. Yeah. Uh, and I've and I've heard. I bet those you would you would buzz through because everything I've heard is that they're really short and sharp and interesting. And about every other year, I reread the Sherlock Holmes books. Yeah. Then you gave me those anthology, those big uh, annotated, annotated things. ones, and that takes forever to read through because you're reading the. Yeah. Margins all the time. Yeah. But they said in uh, 1900 London, there was sometimes five or six postal deliveries a day. In a single day? In a single day, yeah. That uh, you could post something at 10 o'clock in the morning, it'd be delivered by 2 in the afternoon if it's still in London. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty amazing. Um... What's the best book you've read this year? This year? Yeah. Oh, boy. I don't know. Um, trying to remember. Um, read one recently called Rebel Yell, which was uh, one that Mom got me about Stonewall Jackson. Yeah, yeah. And then I gave it to uh, a friend in Ireland to to read. I yeah. also sent him a copy of uh, Killer Angels, which is the best Civil War book I yeah. think that's out there. And uh, But that was interesting, because I had read a little bit about Stonewall Jackson, but not a lot. And Killer Angels, that's the Shara. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's Michael Shara, right? Michael Shara, yeah. And Jeff Shara is his son, his son, right? He's, his son's written about six books, all following the same pattern as his father. That's an interesting... That, that's a trend I've seen in a couple of different places, where you have... Uh, <coughs> Like Frank Herbert wrote mm-hmm. like four Dune books, but his son has written like twelve. Like yeah. it's one of those things you see that as well. You'll have like Tolkien, but then you'll have his son Christopher Tolkien 
history of Middle Earth, uh, mm-hmm. like editing all from it. Like it's an interesting. It's almost like the uh, family store kind of family mm-hmm. business where the uh, does what is his name Gaines that has Game of Thrones. Uh, oh, oh, George R. R. Martin. Martin, yeah. yeah. Does he have a son? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Uh, have you ever seen him interviewed? No. Um, he's very fun to see interviewed, but there is a whole <coughs> movement devoted to uh, sort of being angry at George R. R. Martin for anything he does that isn't writing the new Game of Thrones book. Mm-hmm. Because... Uh, and if you talk to Game of Thrones fans, there's two different broad categories of Game of Thrones fans. There's the people who've been following the books since they came out. And those started in the 90s. Uh, and there's only, uh, uh, there's only five books so far. Uh, and so the first Game of Thrones book came out in the 90s. And then Clash of Kings, Storm of Swords, uh, Feast for Crows, and Dance with Dragons. And in the, the time that, <clears throat> uh, this is a, if, if you have, if you haven't watched and you're avoiding spoilers and you haven't made it through Game of Thrones, uh, season, this last season or season before, stop listening now because I'm going to spoil things if you've gotten to that point. So that's the warning. But all the stuff with like the Red Wedding and everything that's happened in the last season, that all happened in the third book, Storm of Swords. And so all of the cliffhangers that we've been left with now in terms of, like, what's going to happen to this character, what's going to happen to that character, that was probably the mid-2000s that that book came out. And then it was a long time, many years, before the next book came out. And what happened was he wrote so much that Feast for Crows came out, and uh, the first edition that had a note at the end saying, I wrote too much. So this is really just half of the next book. But don't worry, I'll have the other half out very soon. That was a note in the back of the... And Feast for Crows didn't have a lot of the major characters. So I think... I might be wrong about this, because uh, I'm <coughs> I'm still reading Sword of Swords right now. Uh, that's another thing that I keep going back to and reading it piecemeal. Um, but I don't think Tyrion Lannister was in... Uh, uh, was in mm. Uh, Feast for Crows. So you were left with the cliffhanger of what's going to happen to him, and then you had a whole book that people waited years for, and you did, and there were major characters who just weren't in the book. But he promised this, the next book will be out very soon. And there was a feeling, when I, working at, at the bookstore all those years, it got delayed and delayed and delayed, and years and years went by. And there were people who would come into the store and you could tell before they even opened their mouth that this person is going to ask, is there a release date yet for Dance with Dragons? Because he took so long to come out with that book. And it was just, people would come in and they looked just <coughs> like a damaged person. Because they'd been waiting for... <coughs> that book <coughs> just came out a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dance with Dragons came out at, since the TV show wow. started. And... So every time he goes on a TV show or goes on a, to a convention or anything like that, there's a, an army of, of angry George R. R. Martin fans who blog and tweet, why, are you, why is he at a fan convention? Why is he going on Conan O'Brien? Why is he doing this? Why is he, why is he writing an episode of the TV show? Why, they, 
why is he editing this anthology short story? Like, why is he doing anything? Yeah, other than but writing more. Books. Because he has at least two more books left, maybe three more books left to do. Uh, and at the rate he's going, uh, it's the, the uh, uh, Nate Silver did the, did a uh, uh, breakdown, I think, of the rate at which he, he takes to write each book, and it's he doesn't have time left to finish mm-hmm. the series. But he's also said he won't let anyone else finish it. Wow. Uh, so it's, there's a lot of very angry... Yeah. Because I'm... I can already feel the frustration, and I've only been a fan since the TV show started. Mm-hmm. But I've, I have friends who've been with it since the 90s, and they've been waiting for decades wow. for this story to play out. That's amazing. Because so, some people... Uh, some writers... Put out a series and it's just bang, 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 bang. They they mm-hmm. get the series out super fast. Yeah, not him. Well, that's I guess it builds suspense. It sells books. Yeah. If you wait long enough, it, but you run the risk if you wait too long, you'll turn them off. But yeah, maybe not. Hmm. Well, I'm gonna go take some cough medicine. One more shot of cough medicine. All right. Okay. Are you done? I'm done. You're done talking to me? Mm-hmm. I want to ask you some Christmas questions. <coughs> <coughs> I got to go cough. All right. I think I lost that. Um, <coughs> what, are, what are the Christmas movies? Um, what, what are you, you, your favorite is probably a Christmas story, right? Christmas have, story, yeah. Have you seen that enough times that you're... Tired of it, or no? I'm ready to watch it again this year. You haven't seen it this year. I haven't seen it this year. I have this DVD, so I can watch it anytime. But I tend to wait until it's on TV. Yeah, and I tend to watch it in bits and pieces. I just never sit from beginning to end. I like the beginning of it the best when yeah. it's downtown, looking in the windows and everything. Because we used to do that when I was young. Yeah, but uh, it's just a funny movie. Yeah. Did you ever see that sequel they made to it? Never saw the sequel. I heard it's terrible. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would imagine it's not, not the same. Um, you probably don't want to see the sequel, I guess, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to think, because that, uh, that reminds you of what Christmas was like when you were a kid. Yeah. Uh, and I'm trying to think if there's anything, like what, if, I have a lot of, by the time... But when you were a kid, there weren't a lot of Christmas special. Like now, there you have yeah. like all those Christmas specials that I grew up with are my association. Forty or fifty years old. Now. But those those weren't a thing. Like there were Christmas things would happen on TV, but there weren't perennial things they'd show year after yeah. year. Um, so in some ways, Christmas Story kind of does, serves that same purpose mm-hmm. for you that like Charlie yeah. Brown Christmas or the various other yeah. things. Uh, what would you do? Uh, when you were a kid at Christmas, what do you remember? What do you associate with Christmas? Uh, we would go for a bus ride with my grandfather. Mm-hmm. My sister and I would get on a bus in just, uh, Christmas Eve yeah. and go around town with him. Sometimes we'd be the only people on the bus. And while we were doing that, our parents were over putting up the tree and everything and putting the presents out. Yeah. And then we'd come get done and then we'd walk over to our house and have our Christmas. So the tree would happen while you were riding oh, we around. We were driving around. So and you'd be looking at Christmas decorations while you were riding yeah, around? Yeah. 
And there weren't that many, really, but there were some. And usually the colored red and white lights, and one light went out, they all went out. Yeah. So this wasn't a holiday bus. This was just a regular, regular bus. City go, bus. Regular yes. city bus that would yeah. go around St. Charles. the only time we used it yeah. all year long. <coughs> and we do that. And I, I guess it took about 45 minutes to do the whole route, which is pretty fast to put up a Christmas tree and all the presents and stuff. And your grandfather, was that your dad's dad or your mom's My dad? My mom's dad. Your mom's dad. Yeah. Yeah, he would be in. He was in his late 80s at that time. Where did he live? He lived about two blocks from us. He and my grandmother lived two blocks away from us, so we were all pretty close together. Yeah. So we'd go there over there usually on Saturdays and spend Saturday nights with them. Mm. My parents would go out, play cards, or visit friends and stuff like that on Saturday. That was their night out. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I remember one Christmas I got a. Uh, a chemistry set. Yeah. And then I set it up in the basement and would try to do all these experiments and stuff with all the chemistry stuff. And I had that for years and stuff. I was kind of interested in science at that time, but uh, as I got older, I've realized that was not my area of interest or expertise or anything. But it was it was still fun to have. They had all kinds of different experiments you could do. Yeah. That came with it with the chemicals and things. I think I was a, I think that was the same for me with animation. Was that the, all I wanted to be up through around age 10 was an animator. Mm-hmm. And I think it was when I started realizing that what I wanted to do was make cartoons. And that's not what being an animator is. Being an animator yeah. is being so good at drawing that you can draw the same thing over, like over and, and over and over, close, change a little, inch, yeah. learning about anatomy and movement, <coughs> all and all the things that were not like. Once I realized, like, oh no, this would be a nightmare job for me because I'm mm. not. I was never skilled enough uh, draftsman to be able to have the discipline to mm-hmm. draw the same thing or close to it. And then once I, I think, uh, like when we went over and visited in in Dublin, uh, when uh, uh, Dermot was working at Don Bluth. Mm-hmm. Don Bluth uh, Studios in, in Ireland I remember looking around and thinking like oh I wouldn't like this this would be a lot of work mm-hmm. and not much fun and I wouldn't have any say in what happened in yeah. The, uh, yeah. It, it seems nice but until you look into the details of it yeah. so like for you sci- the fun parts of science then you quickly realize like oh no it's slow yeah. uh, methodical uh, yeah and same with math and stuff. Mm-hmm. That's why I didn't go into engineering and stuff like that. Which right. I thought I wanted to do at one time. Yeah. How many different things do you remember having a, a, a thought in terms of like, this is what I might like to do? Oh. Did you go through a bunch of things? Yeah. I'm still trying to figure out what I want to do when I grow up. Uh-huh. But uh, yeah, it's a lot of it is just uh, trial and error, I think. Things that, you know. Yeah. And, uh, you played drums. I played drums in high school, yeah. Was that ever something that you thought you wanted to do, or was that, did you know that was always just for fun? That was just for fun, yeah. yeah. I never was in a, a, a regular rock band or anything like that. I was just in an orchestra band in school and stuff. Yeah. But, so it was more percussion as opposed to playing drums. Yeah, because you habitually drum. Yeah. Like when you're driving, All you're at a red light, you're always, you're always drumming. Yeah, yeah. It just kind of a habit stays with you, I guess. Yeah. Hmm. Um, 
Because I only ever, I only ever really remember wanting to do, uh, wanting to be a cartoonist, and then wanting to be an actor, comedian. Those mm-hmm. are the only things I ever. Rem- I don't remember there ever being an, uh, a third thing. Yeah. Uh, which, to a certain extent, it was kind of like. It was always the same thing, I think, but it just transferred from, well, I won't draw it, I'll just do it some other mm-hmm. way. But it felt like the same thing. But I'm trying to remember if there was ever a point where I was like, well, I could go into this or that. Yeah. Yet you've had a lot of different jobs. I guess. But I've worked in a bookstore for 12 yeah. years. Yeah. Like, that's not... Yeah. Most people have had more jobs over the past 12 years than I have. Yeah. I guess now I'm doing a lot of little jobs and things like that, a lot of mm. different this, different that. Uh, I guess I worked in a bunch of jobs for a while, but um, how many different how many different jobs have you had? You had what was your first? first you were in the job, army. First job was uh, cleaning out Dottie's ladies' shop every afternoon. How old were you in, when you were doing that? Uh, about thirteen, fourteen. Yeah. Then I was a lifeguard a couple of summers. Then I sold suits at Famous Bar a couple of summers. And then I uh, went in the Army. Then I worked I worked at the TV station, then I went in the Army. Then I worked You were a sports guy company. at the TV station, yeah. right? First, yeah. and that was KRCG. Yeah. Then I worked uh, for as a claims adjuster. In Chicago? In Chicago. And then TV, and then to uh, the Bankers Association, where I did the newspaper and then became their lobbyist. Yeah. Uh, Nothing planned. All of that kind of... Just one thing happening, and then another thing happening. Just things happening, yeah. Because I actually applied for a radio position, and there was no opening for radio, but they had an opening at the TV station. That's how I got into TV. That was... You were in St. Charles when you applied? Yeah. What radio station was it? Uh, KWOS. Okay. In Jefferson City. And then, was that connected to KRCG? Uh, at one time, they were all owned by the same company, but they had to divest themselves at, back in the 60s sometime when yeah. they couldn't have... The same company owned the newspaper, the TV, and the radio station. Yeah. And they couldn't own all three, so they had to split it up. Although now it's veering back towards... Going back to it. The yeah. other model. Yeah. Uh, the uh, which of those jobs did you like the most? I mean, you've been at the Bankers Association the longest, yeah. so yeah, but I guess would be that. But like, yeah, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed the TV, although a lot of it was making slides and stuff that was in the back that I didn't like. We'd write the commercials and then we'd make slides, mm-hmm. and it was working with ink and. Yeah, making pretty basic stuff that you don't see nowadays. Now it's all electronic, but we would have to make the slide on cardboards, yeah, on poster boards, and then shoot a photograph of it, and then convert it into a slide yeah. to use it in the commercial. And that took hours and hours. Sometimes I'd sometimes spend five, six hours a day just making slides. Yeah, and that was the part I didn't like. That's what I disliked the most about the TV work. Yeah. And really, that, uh, if you think about, you were there for about 10 years-ish? 15. 15 total? You had, the, you had Showtime for 10 years. 12. 12 years. Hmm. 
Um, but you seem to have gotten out of that right at the right moment where if you'd stayed, you would have been stuck there maybe. Yeah. Um, there's some guys that started working. One guy that replaced me is when I went in the army is still there. He's been there now for 47 years. Yeah. But if you've been there that long, you've pretty well lost your ability to be able to transfer someplace else. Yeah. You're kind of locked in. They got you. Now, uh, I want to go back to when you're, uh, what your memories of Christmas are. <coughs> uh, there's a story that I tell, because I actually think it's a really good political metaphor. Um, the the story about when uh, Arle, when uh, Aunt Arlie got you the uh, rabbit puppet oh, yeah. for Christmas. Yeah. Um, uh, do you want to tell that story? My mother and her sister, my aunt, were always in competition, kind of. Mostly my mother. So my aunt bought me this. It was a hand puppet of a rabbit. It looked very real. Yeah. And I used it on the kids' show. So my mother decided she would get me something too. So she got me a crank. You crank it and it jack in the box. Jack in the box. Pop goes the wheeze and up would pop a little. And this was a year later she got you that, yeah. right? And uh, it would pop up. Well, I said, it really didn't do anything. It was just a little child's toy. So she said, well, we can take it back. So she took it back and I'm standing next to her. Now here I am, 30-some years old, standing next to her. And my mother's returning it saying, he really didn't want this. <laughs> And she didn't understand <coughs> why <coughs> she didn't understand why what I think is great about that story is Arlie got it for you knowing like you use puppets on your sh- yeah. TV show here's a really good puppet that the kids will like yeah. and your mom just thought oh you he liked, some the, kind of he liked the toy yeah. and so she just got you a child's toy yeah. that had no purpose for that you couldn't use it on the couldn't TV use show it for anything, yeah. and when John McCain picked Sarah Palin as his vice president, that's the story that I thought of, which was that what the Republicans saw was Hillary Clinton's really popular. We'll pick a woman. Mm-hmm. You women like women, right? Yep. And you got something completely useless. And then when Obama won, the first thing they did was they appointed Michael Steele to be the head of the the Republican National Committee, and they hired Bobby Jindal to uh, do the uh, uh, response to the State of the Union to the uh, uh, the first speech that Obama made, and you could see, oh, no wonder the Republicans hate affirmative action. They don't like uh, uh, the Equal Rights Amendment. Any of these things because they this is how they do it. Is mm-hmm. it just is like oh any woman will do or anyone yep. who has uh, a darker skin complexion is just like Obama, I mm-hmm. guess. And it does feel like that same... I always think that story is a hilarious way of illustrating yeah. that not getting what it is that someone likes about something. Mm-hmm. Uh, would you... Uh, so you're, you would come back from a bus ride with your grandpa and the tree would be up. So would that be on Christmas Eve? Christmas Eve, yeah. We had all our Christmas on Christmas Eve. So, But the tree would go up on Christmas Eve. Yeah. That's such a fascinating change to me because basically now... The way it is now, and I'm happy with it as it is now, is uh, Halloween is basically when October 31st rolls over into November 1st. That's when Christmas starts. Oh, July 4th, maybe. <laughs> maybe. 
But for me, it's like, okay, November 1st, that's when I can play Christmas music. Mm-hmm. That's when I consider it starting. And Thanksgiving is basically just a secular pre-Christmas. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like a, a <coughs> rehearsal with some different, a few different themes, but it basically is uh, uh, phase one of Christmas to me. Because I only celebrate secular Christmas. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't have a, a religious connotation to it. To me, the, any religious part of it is just more of the uh, pageantry. Uh, and I actually think, if we're down to me, particularly in New York, I like that the lights are up through New Year's. But I always think that they sh- there should be, since Christmas starts so early uh, in November and, and, and going on through there, uh, the I think there should be a, a, a longer fade off. That uh, when you fifteenth of January, I would go through the first of February. <laughs> but what I would do is uh, once New Year's happens, pull all the stuff that has to do with Christmas. Any kind of uh, Jesus or Santa Claus related things, they gotta go. But snowflake related things, Frosty the Snowman, anything that's just winter related, white lights, mm-hmm. take down all the red and green lights. But if you have white lights up, keep those up. Uh, because. Make it a celebration of winter? Celebration of just winter fun and. Because and, uh, otherwise, I think January, particularly in New York, is so bleak because everything was so nicely decorated and then all of a sudden it's just gray and I like that month but I missed the lights everything Mm -hmm. looked so nice and done up maybe even put up different kinds of lights that are Mm -hmm. specifically January related Uh, but I'm fascinated to think of all the effort that it takes to put up a tree and decorate it that you wouldn't do it until Christmas Eve how long would the tree stay up? a week? Oh, we'd keep it up until February sometimes. Oh, okay. Yeah. That, now you're talking my language. Yeah, and it was a live tree, so it was right. like a fire hazard like crazy. It would be browned almost by the time we take it down. Um, what kind of decorations did you have on your tree? Uh, old decorations that we had for a long time. We've had them in the family for a long time and get stuff that kind of enjoyed having. Some of them we still have. On the trees now. My mom's sitting in, in the room now. In judgment. We didn't. Uh, he didn't come in or up. I was talking to you. Sure. Were those like the cloth ones, the ones that were that were kind of uh, uh, felt or cloth? No. I made no. Some of those. Okay. Yeah. Um, what is? What? They were old, uh, round, kind of very fragile type of Christmas ornaments. Yeah. A lot of them broke very easily. Yeah. So you would you would open all the presents on Christmas Eve, yep. all of them, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. What would you do on Christmas Day? Uh, get up, play with the toys, and have a big meal. Yeah. Yep. Um, what... Uh, What are some other things you remember from Christmases? Uh, like I remember there was your your mom making uh, a big deal once about the Christmas that she had to go to the movies on Christmas, which is now. Do you remember that? 
There was, I don't remember that. There was a point where she was saying, oh, there was one Christmas when it, it was as if it was the weirdest thing. Whereas yeah. now it's sort of everyone's gotten used to. You go to the movies on We always go to the movies on Christmas, and it's always packed. It's the yeah, most packed you ever see. I hate going on Christmas Day now because it's so packed. Um, well, I bought us our tickets for a uh, movie for tomorrow night. Yeah. Uh, what, to see what? Into the Woods. Oh. Yeah. Here in town? Here in town. Okay, so it'll be We've got to go early. It'll be packed. We've got to go try to oh, get gosh. four seats together. Oh, boy. Bring your uh, mask. Yeah. The reason Grandma was mad was that she wanted us to come down on Christmas Day, but you were working. Yeah. Oh. And so we had Christmas with Speak up if you're going to speak. Okay, we had Christmas with them the weekend before because she wanted us to be there on Christmas. You, of course, to be there on Christmas Day, but Dad was working. And so I wasn't willing to leave him here Right. No Christmas. And so we had Christmas early with them, but she was a little ticked off because... She had to go to the movies. It was a pity thing. I had Christmas. to go to the movies, and it was just Mary and me and some homeless guy. I don't know if they spoke to him to find out if he was a homeless guy or not. So there was nobody in the movie? She, it was your mother. She was lying. Mm. <laughs> but uh, I think movies I think were not... <coughs> movies were not... Did not used to not be a Christmas thing. Yeah. That's a relatively recent phenomenon. Did you see that the the interview is now coming back? It, it's know. already available. Yeah. You can watch it on YouTube. <coughs> it's, it's like you rent it on YouTube. It's like six dollars or something. Mm. But um, yeah. that will be old news by the time people yeah. are listening to this. But um, well, we're there. Good, good talking to you, Connor. What? <laughs> I'm going. To... Oh, you're done. I'm done. You said, that, you said that before and you weren't... <coughs> well, I'm coughing again. Well, you're just going to take some more cough medicine, yeah, right? I, I think I'm going to go off. You're going to leave and not come back to me? I'm not coming back to you for a while. All right. Okay. We'll pick this up. We'll okay. record a little bit more. I'll, I'll continue because I only talked for an hour. Okay. I'm going to get an hour out of him, but it's going to be in segments. What time are we going to leave? It's, it's 6.20 now and we need to be there at 7? It's quarter past 6. That means he wants to leave in five minutes. Even if it means... No, I'm not getting up there. You're going to talk, but you're going to stay far away from Mike? That's too late now. What do you mean? Because I can't get up at that I'll do it. What do you want? Don't you do it. I'll do it. It's too late now to do it on a timer. No. But somebody untimed my timers. All right. Here's the thing. My end's done. I don't care about the other end. That's old coffee in there. That's still Yeah. I don't want to talk. <laughs> well, then prove it. If you don't want to talk, prove it. She's running away now. Do you want me to build up the fire? Yes, please. That would be great. Okay. Thank you. So we have a nice fire when we come back. All right. Well, I'll pick this up in a little bit. Okay, and that's it for Connor's private time. And now um, here's me trying to interview my sister, Allison. If you remember, this is my sister with the disability, so um, you can guess how this goes, but um, I don't know, I thought it would be fun to do, so I decided to record it. Um, it's mostly just her making noises into my phone, but uh, hopefully that's not off-putting to you guys. I enjoy it. I think it's fun to listen to. But that's also because it's my sister. Anyways, um, here is me trying to interview my sister. Here's my interview with my sister, Allison.
what's so funny? What's so funny? Well, you're clearly happy about something, so what are you happy about? Alright, Allison, so you're my older sister, correct? Right, and uh, what was it like growing up in the Amato family? And what kind of stuff's on your mind this Christmas? And now you're laughing about something. What are you laughing about? Okay, now you're playing with your slinky again. Okay, now you're just yelling. What else? Now you're grabbing my phone. And now you're drooling everywhere. Yeah, there. Now you're biting the thing that I'm wiping your drool away with. And any final words for our listeners? Yeah, that's what I figured. All right, that was Allison. And that's it for private time. So now we take you back to the UCB Theater where Christmas Eve on Sesame Street is just finishing up. Christmas with you all through the year When Christmas is over Say some Christmas cheer these precious moments, hold them very dear, and keep Christmas with you all through the year. Christmas means the spirit of giving, peace and joy to you. The goodness of loving, the gladness of living, these are Christmas too. So keep Christmas with you all through the year. When Christmas is over, say some Christmas cheer. These precious moments, hold them very dear, and keep Christmas with you. All through the year.
Christmas with you. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, friends, for coming. Uh, we'll see you next year. <laughs> and remember, keep Christmas with you all through, through the year. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thank you. Pick up any garbage and see. Yeah, pick up garbage. Let's make it easy on our uh, friends. Some of this will probably rub in better than it will pick up. <laughs> also, take a cupcake. Take a cupcake with you. Please take a cupcake. All through the year. When, when take cupcakes are over, we showed the Muppet Family Christmas last year. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry for all the inappropriate jokes in that in that special. Uh, yeah. Now, what was the most? What do you think was the most uh, over the line? Um, I think subway train masking Oscar the Grouch clearly swearing. Clearly swearing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I'm on board with that. Was yeah. that Shailene Woodley in that? Commercial, the last commercial. Which one? Uh, the last oh, commercial. That, that was shitty. Like it looked her. a lot like her. I don't think but it was an angel. But it was the angel. It looks a lot like public life. Right now? Oh, cool. Oh, wow. Of course. Thank you for Yeah, it was super fun, wasn't it? Thank you for coming, Emily. Thank you. Thank you for the photo. Yeah, that's a great photo. Thank you. I love it. I know. Yeah, that's great. We're going to we'll post that online from the little book. Yep. Thank you, Emily. Thank you for coming. Thank you guys for doing no, thank you for thank coming, you for coming Heidi. Out. I'm glad you came again. Uh, it's so a tradition fun. now. It was fun. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Also, I, I understand that we're Giblets, giblets, yeah. but... Uh, yeah. That's clearly balls. Can't you the episode? Thank you, yeah. It's <laughs> clearly big where we're like, oh, yeah, throws the balls off. Throws the balls, balls, balls off. I think I'm going to Thank you for coming, Joel. Yeah, it's clearly the giblets are a stand-in. I really... Man, there's some Dude, real guy, solid jokes in there. I mean, the, yeah. all of the ice cream yeah. gags are very fun. Like, but throwing off the grass, like, yeah. that kills also, like uh, nothing else. Liking it is very but when your Sesame Street family oh, yeah. into it, so into it. Yeah. it's easy to go for it. And but I didn't realize people don't know who like Bob or Linda are. Yeah. Uh, people don't know. I think most of our age know Bob, Linda, Gordon, Hooper. Really? But I didn't grow up. Right. If you didn't grow up here, though. With what? 
Uh, no, he's Sesame Street character. I mean, like the IRL. People, oh, really? Like real people. A lot of people don't know. Yeah. The, yeah, Bob and yeah. The weird moment they take no, 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 no. to remind us that Mr. Hooper is Jewish. I know. Feels, feels like I'm sure at the time everyone was like, wait. Mr. Hooper's Jew. Like, let's, let's take a moment. Yeah. Let's not explain Judaism or Hanukkah. Yeah. But let's, like, have a moment. And he's like, you guys remembered. Yeah. It's weird. His reaction is very weird. It is. Well, I, I like that they're like, listen, people on Sesame Street are different. Hooper's not a Christmas guy, but he still enjoys... Also, he died. Yeah. yeah. He's also a terrible businessman. Yeah. Well, here's my He's thinking. a good-hearted man, here's Jesse. He is. I hope he can. He wasn't going to get much for either of those things. Who buys... Cigar boxes. Or a used bath toy. Yeah. Right. Um, also, yeah. what, one of the things I find striking about it is particularly early Sesame Street, the way they really... It's cleaned up now. Like, Sesame Street's pretty clean-looking street. That's a poor neighborhood in Sesame Street. When they go on this... She just goes down a dark alley. Also, Daddy. Goodbye. They do take a moment to acknowledge that calls her mother, her parents, to be like, we know who your daughter is. No, it's empty. Two empties and the one I I saw me drink before. I brought three. Yeah. Thank you for coming, Jamie. Yes. Hopefully, we'll keep doing it. Yeah. Yeah. About what? It's great. No, I love it. I don't know that one. What's it called? Don't eat the pictures. I feel like they wrote it. It is. They were like, well, Santa decorates the tree. So, like, Gordon, decorate your dumb tree. What are you doing? Yeah. Why'd you buy a tree? Oh, I do remember this. Because uh, like Santa decorates I love when they're all in the oh, subway together. Is, and it's, I and remember the subway all of this. Just yeah, yeah. so weird. Like, I've such weird it's not a memories. clean subway. It's like that. the dirtiest subway. There's a lot of good ones. Um, not yet, but it's like I, not a well. It's not a... It's a, a couple really good thing. traveling ones where Seth McFarland goes traveling that I really like. Seeing them out in the real world is always really fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they do the one episode in China, also, the Great Wall of China, and all that stuff. Okay, right. That was Fraggle Rock for us. Our video store had it, so I'd always rent it. Yeah. Oh, I love Labyrinth. It's It's maybe the one movie that I can recite from like front to back now. Well, I, yeah. I can at least remember oh, cool. the parts of the play or the book that she can't. That's yes. awesome. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I always forget it. Yeah. And, you know, you have I, no power I over it. I said, <laughs> there won't be a dry eye in the house with that like Gift of the Magi thing. And you can hear people... Yeah. It, more beyond just the level of people always like, forget oh, this like part. that were that's genuinely affecting <laughs> when they sell their stuff when they part with their stuff yeah I think she's a little older than 12 I think she's like 16 yeah I think Jennifer Connelly was like I think she I think she was like asking if he can I think the character is like 15 or so 14, 15 yeah well I mean like definitely like I think she's in high school which is why she's doing the play I think she's high school running into each other yeah yeah maybe so good she was also like my first crush Jennifer Connelly 
in a major way. Part of me, I love David Bowie. Actually, got worried because it's been so long since I saw it, and I remembered it being Gifts of the Magi and all this other stuff in it. But I was glad when the credits started up again in that opening series because I started worrying. Wait a second, is this just Sesame Street on Ice that we're gonna watch? If you go out this way, though, do the best. I remember. Thank you for coming, guys. Thank you for coming. Orlando, thanks for being a fake bitch. <laughs> oh, it's so fun and dumb. Oh. I love that the B plot is the Magi, and the C plot is Cookie Monster eats things. Okay, so I want you guys to explain something. Yeah. Both Jim into properties. Oh, my God. Kermit comes on Sesame Street. Yeah. Kermit was a journalist on Sesame Street. Uh, but, but yeah. yeah. Thank you guys for coming. And I, and I like that like Kermit in this... The, the Kermit in this is still fulfilling his job as a journalist. Yeah. He's like, well, let's investigate. He just does like a special report. Those improv yeah. segments with the kids are so funny. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's the thing. That's the real issue that, that I think our generation has with Elmo is that we already had an Elmo and he was Grover. You know? Well, that's the thing is like Elmo. Stupid Grover. El, yeah, yeah. Elmo is stupid Grover. Elmo is a very condescending. Yeah, he was Baby Monster originally. Before yeah, he he's in, I mean, he's he's in the Muppet Family Christmas with no lines, just hanging out. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, he's he's in the wide shots with all the, all the monsters, but he's not a main character yet. Yeah, yeah. he's just in the world. prominence become like eighties, right? I feel like uh, I feel no nineties. Like nineties. Nineties. Because two thousand is two thousand is the one that for some reason there is the Muppet that has is a fairy. Like, she's yeah. the new oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Muppet that everyone likes. Oh, well, uh, there was the one Zoe that they added, too. That's yeah, like, I mean, Zoe and the Zoe was like Elmo, too, whatnot, and it was like too much. There's the Whatnot that somehow really? became a main character, and I'm like, yeah. this is bullshit. Whatnots <laughs> are not main characters. <laughs> this is bullshit. Is there, or is there not a Muppet with AIDS, by the way? In, uh, yeah, in South Africa. South Africa, yeah. Oh, is that in America? No. No, because there's different versions of Sesame Street in different countries. Like Plaza Sesamo? Plaza Sesamo? Is that what you watch? Plaza Sesamo? Uh, and there's also, um, uh, there's sense. a few Muppets that have been pretty situa- situational to things. And now they're Muppets, well, they're not Muppets, but there's, there's a kid in the U.S. one whose parents are in jail. At least one of his parents really? is in jail. Well, because the percentages are so high that... There are kids. There are a lot of kids watching Sesame Street who have a parent or right. uncle or someone in jail. Yeah, statistically enough that they were like, we should probably like address this. this yeah. to kids. That's that, and that's the and that's the part of the that's the brief of the show. In the same way that like watching that other Sesame Street, how it's not a it's not a cleaned up neighborhood. It's kind right. of a rough neighborhood in terms of like the streets a little dirty. The Sesame Street sign looks a little bit. Like unmaintained. They take the sad. subway to go ice skating and stuff like that. Yeah. 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 Have you seen the show recently? Um, I've seen bits of it in recent years. What's it look like? It's think? a lot more of a sketch show now. I feel like in terms of they have a lot more like set piece things. It feels like you could chop it, up yeah. and reassemble it different. Like, it feels yeah, less arky. Yeah. I mean, they used right. to do those like uh, like pre digital animations. Yeah. That were like, yeah. Like the numbers from one to ten. Right. One, or the the like, Alligator Prince. Yeah, 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 exactly. But I, I, I haven't watched it in a while. But I heard that yeah, they do like cartoons that are segmented in. Yeah, 
But do they still have the set that's like... Yeah, they still have the set. It's, it's also, there was an article recently that was talking about the different changes that they've made to Sesame Street over the years and how almost every time they have to snap back. Like, there was a while where they were doing Around the Corner, and it was wildly <laughs> unpopular. They would right. go visit Around the Corner, and at a certain point they were like, people ha- hated it. Right. Really? So they just got rid of Around the Corner. They never ventured there anymore. So they anymore. would just like make a 90 degree turn and people were like, fuck. It was like a different universe though. I feel like, I feel like I've seen a clip of it. Yeah. It's like a different world with other characters. Oh, oh really? And the one thing that I would, the holy grail that I would love to, to watch, because I don't think it's ever been released publicly, is the divorce episode. Do you know about this? Yes. That like that's no, like for a show that I mean, has been them, has been so adept at handling death and you know like having a character whose parents are in prison or who has a relative in prison or whatever that they're so good at handling things. There was a point I think in the eighties where they were like let's try and handle divorce, and it was too messy and too complicated. And the, all, they test all these things to see how kids are gonna respond to it, and they were like, no matter how they tried to crack it it confused as many kids as it comforted. Mm. Uh, yeah. It didn't air? It was... Uh, Not to, to my knowledge, it never aired. It was just... Like the, it was like the, the one thing that they're like, there isn't a... There isn't one good way to handle this because it's so disparate how kids experience it right. in life. Even as it's become like a normal thing over time, it's still like some kids have divorce and it's for this reason, some for that reason. It would be... Do you know when this was that this came? Well, they I don't know. I've just read about it before that there was a, that divorce was like the one thing that they did an episode and they're like, oh, we yeah, can't air it. Because I think it was just because they couldn't. Everything else I can pretty much guarantee, like when they did like Mr. Hooper, the death of Mr. Hooper, it was handled and it was rough. The actor but actually died. That's yeah, they did. They he died, and so they dealt with it. Yeah, and they. Yeah, I remember hearing about that. I don't think I've ever actually seen the episode where they. Go on YouTube. It's amazing. If you look up Mr. Hooper on YouTube. It's an amazing episode because they don't shy away from any of it. Like really? it's it's Big Bird upset and he's angry and he doesn't understand. The same way that like yeah, they I don't all the adult actors were like yeah. they're genuinely they're genuinely upset. Them. If you look at like the way that they didn't shy away from uh, Big Bird's anxiety in this, like they didn't soft yeah, coat yeah. it at all. It was really hard. It was hard to watch. Like it's like watching a little kid have a genuine. Uh, you can come this way. All the lights are off, but you can same question. Go that way. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting how well uh, they. Yeah, I mean, I guess they just don't sugarcoat it. They really just kind of. What should we do with these cupcakes? Do you want them? Do we want to leave them for anyone? I'm fine. For staff tomorrow or anything, if so they want some cupcakes. I guess you the can the put them on the bar. All right. Yeah. Let's both Maybe be... the fridge so they don't attract mice. No, because I can't. Well, I think that I. Th- I don't think mice or anything will get. I don't that. think mice are gonna do this. They can't get into this. It's plastic. Yeah. All right. If they do, more power to them. Is this the way out? Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. Hey, Pat. Um. Christmas with you. Man, that was so good. Yeah. I teared up not at the finale of the Hooper thing, but the second one. The, in the store. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That um, was, like, rough. The part that is the most excellent part of that is when Bert tries to ask if he can visit his paper book oh, and God. he can't finish the sentence. Yeah. 
He, he can't, he just like, he can't deal with it. Yeah. Hello. Hello. Orlando, 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 Orlando. Um, what train are you heading towards, Orlando? The one, two, three. The one, two, three. Uh, I imagine JD and I will walk over to maybe the end. part of the podcast. Welcome. No, I think because we took out an hour to uh, have the special, uh, we'll probably have a jump in time in it. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I recorded basically the audio. Yeah, JD will figure out a way. We'll either include the audio uh, or we'll have a, a, a time jump. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, I've recorded. I'm saving it right now, and I'm going to eat when I get home because the upload speeds here are garbage. Awesome. So I'll just upload when I get home. Thank you so much, Pat. Okay. I really appreciate yeah, it that. Should, it should just have the audio of the whole thing and, and the commercials. That'll be fun. Yeah, Pat, I think this your screening was actually uh, even a uh, uh, more successful than last year's. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, I think like I think people were genuinely su- surprised by how great that was. Well, I think people haven't seen that. Yeah, um, yeah. Because I think it is. It is one of those things that, like, doesn't, you don't hear about it. Like, even, like, Garfield Christmas plays a lot. Like, yeah. There are a lot of specials that but just... But there's a DVD of that, too, though. Yeah, no, just don't is, exist. This yeah. isn't distributed. This is on, like, a VHS, and I, there might be a DVD version, but I don't know. If there's a DVD, I'm sure it's edited. Yeah. Right. I'm sure it's not the whole thing. Yeah. That was great. Yeah, this yeah. is warts and all. feels great. Yeah. That was yeah. fun. For Monday night, fun turnout. Everyone had a good time. Yeah. Thank you for helping uh, me out. Thank I you, found Pat. out when I checked the internet after playing House got renewed for second season. So yeah. That's fun. Hey. Yeah. Hey, that's, that's great. great. Six what months a... after the awesome. 10 episodes aired, they, Crazy. they got another eight. Nice. Uh, that's so great. It was like, especially also because they were like, we're getting rid of strip, scripted comedies, I'm going to say. Right. And you're like, uh Because yeah. everyone in NBC Universal is pulling out of comedy. Right. Yeah. So. Cool. Trouble. Yeah. All right. Well, guys. Thank, thank you, you so much, Pat. Thank you. Pat. What? Pat, do we have a new projector here? Oh, yeah. Pat's not here. There's a new projector, much brighter than the last. Yeah, yeah, it looks really good. Yeah. Now when it oh. projects, I can't see the audience. Yeah, uh, yeah. I bet now if we played the uh, Muppets Go to Walt Disney World, it would look crystal twice clear. As good. Was it too dark before? The no, no, it was just a little or, bit faded. Yeah, it was yeah. You're the only one that's it. Or the uh, we'd probably be able to see the end of Help. Yeah. <laughs> uh, where are we walking to, JD? Uh, end of the seven? Yeah, let's do it. Isn't that where you're going? All right, good night. Good night. No, thank you for oh, being there. You. Yeah. Um, I really, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just because I sat down, like, we were talking about Mana Comana, like, just sat down and watched it. Oh, you watched it? That's why, I, no, I haven't seen it, but that's why I like The Loveless so much. It's like a sound. Right. Apparently. Yeah. No, I actually, I think I don't think The Loveless is a bad movie. It was I, bad for that series. It was bad for it was yeah. it was bad as like the first movie to showcase what we wanted to do with that series. Yeah, it was, was that like the first one. It was no, his first, first one. one. Ernest goes to jail. Right, which I thought was a successful. Yeah, and then we showed Modern Romance, which was also successful. And then it was like, all right, third time's a charm. This thing's really going to take off. And then we had everyone except Orlando walk out. 
And then we also had then yeah. when when then when we were forced to show that uh, Dutch comedy. Oh, that was so weird. Clown. That's where we really lost. Well, before that, you Clown. Had, uh, we were fo- forced to show a thing that Muppets none of us cared about. Muppets Go to Disney World was one of the last ones. Right. We had because that was like if we're gonna show something, let's show something no one's ever seen. Um. And yeah, that 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 weird thing that. UCB made a screen that was like it'll be the premiere in the US United States and we're like okay but it already played at theaters here right and no one no one cared wanted about to it. see it that was a weird thing because we just wanted that secret movie show screening series to be free shows after hours like this right yeah. and then we had to put it on the schedule but we weren't allowed to promote it because we didn't have the rights to show those things it was so and strange and then we we were given Mike as a show partner, we were also given Ryan Krells because he wanted to screen too, but he ended up never picking one. Yeah. Uh, he was around for a and couple of them, but he never picked one. He came out for one, though. Yeah. Only one. I don't think he came out for more than one. And then when we were handed Clown to show, which none of us knew or cared about, so we didn't have a personal connection to it, that helped us lose momentum. And then we were basically told after that, you guys are not going to be allowed to keep doing this and we're like well we weren't really allowed to keep doing it and we weren't really allowed to do it the way we wanted to in the first place right because we lost momentum i was like oh man this thing you guys are doing isn't isn't really working i was like well, it's only yeah, not working yeah we, we haven't done it yet <laughs> it's working when we're doing it it's not worked because of the ones that we were given to show i bet we could do it now and have it be a more successful thing well also it shouldn't be because that was thursday night at, 11, at 11 p.m yeah uh, I think it should be something that's like Friday nights at like midnight or like well the the, the problem, Saturday at midnight the problem or with, Saturday at like one a.m. or something. I think the problem with it is that there are shows during those times. So right. If we do it, it has to be a, a slot no one else wants. Like tonight, doing it at midnight on a Monday. Yeah. Um, should we I, head over a little? Or no. Oh yeah, we can um, head over. Um, I also think it'll work better just if we are allowed to make them quote-unquote one-offs. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like even so even if we do them on a pretty regular basis, but to make it feel like each one's special and it's not like, oh, you can just come next week. Well, uh, Shannon has actually said, because I was telling her about the way we did it that one time for Secret Movie Show. Yeah. And Shannon is actually open to the idea of it being like a, every few months or something do one yeah which I think is the right amount it's hard to get people to come out well, that was also a weekly show when we were doing it we were I doing know. it every week and it was before people would come to the Beast for things yeah like the Beast wasn't really a theater that people were like oh yeah I'm gonna go hang out there um like it was still when people would go to the Beast and then go out to McManus afterwards yeah uh <laughs> um but that people really like that, and also every time we've shown a Jim Henson thing, what's amazing is how you listen to how hard the laughs were when uh, Oscar, Oscar Grouch yeah. went f- flying down the stairs. Well, also, what a weird opening to a movie or to a show. Yeah, the on ice performers for like 15 minutes, all of which were credits. <laughs> I was really relieved when those credits started up again because. Yeah. I had started to worry that I had misremembered what the special was, and I was like, is well, this I, whole thing Sesame Street on ice? I had a moment, too, where that's what I thought, and I was like, I, was, I almost wished you be like, wait, this isn't just all, all this, all is it? Because yeah. there were some good jokes in there, but it's, I didn't want to just watch the 
full-length costumed ice dancers. Yeah. Because they were like good bad jokes. We were like, okay. Yeah. And also, like, clearly, I love when you see like variety performance things where like they use props or gags that are clearly from another bit. Yeah. They try to co-opt it. Like when it's like, Ernie, don't sit on the side of the barrel. Yeah, don't, it's like, like, why is there a barrel? Why is like, there a barrel? It's like, wait, 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 wait. Why is there a barrel? Why is he sitting on the edge of it? Why is that dangerous? Why is this a known dangerous thing? Like, there's so many aspects of this that it's like, what? And then it's like, psych, he's not sitting on the edge of the barrel. He crafted this complicated prop <laughs> and then brought it ice skating with? Like, yeah. wait. Like, Ernie built this and brought it with him to the ice arena. <laughs> to fuck even with though, Bert. Even though Bert and Ernie presumably came here on the subway. He made a trip the day before or something. But you know what I mean? Like, they're all pushing on this barrel and it's like, I've never in my life seen someone sitting on a barrel being pushed around an ice skating rink. Yeah, and what's he and supposed like, to... Like, Bert should be saying, don't use a barrel at all. Yeah. Not don't sit on the side of the barrel, but just like, right. why is there a barrel? Why is there a barrel? Right. Yeah, another, Bert should be like, what's going on? Another thing Another thing is, you know how... Yeah. I Well, I used to... That's my old apartment. Oh, wow. I used to be able to see that from my window. Another thing is that... Uh, you know how, like, one of the things that's great, particularly about early Simpsons, is how it's like, oh, it's like a rare show that acknowledges, like, that people have money worries. Right. Like, the Simpsons can't afford things. That's my old window. Um, Third floor, right there. Uh, the, one, the brown building, the left side, one, two, three, third one. The one that has, like, light off, you can see the drape in it. Yeah, that was my apartment. Weird. How long ago? Uh, three years ago. Oh. It's always a bummer walking by it right now, though. Yeah, because it's, it's like, be I could now. be home. Yeah. So I interrupted you, though. Um, no, just, like, the realities of, like, Bert and Ernie don't have money for things. Yeah. And the reality of, like, it seems like real working people. Like, it's a working class show about people who have nice lives and families, but they live in small, realistic-looking apartments. The also uh, thing that I like about Bert and Ernie yeah. is, you know, like, everyone has said, oh, are they, like, uh, a gay couple? Yeah. Which is never totally addressed. Yeah. But if they are or if they aren't, either way, I like that it's sort of like a non-traditional friendship that you don't really see on television. Yeah. If they are, of course, that's non-traditional, especially for the time. Yeah. And it's not about that. And if they're not, it's also, like, um, a view of, like, just, like, friendship and male friendship that, like, also isn't seen so much. We're just like, yeah, these guys, like, have each other's backs. Yeah, they're going to be roommates. Right. Well. It's such a trope of, like, oh, bad roommate. Exactly. No, and and they, like, truly care about each other. And they, I mean, they fight all the time. Right. They fight all the time, but they love each other so much that the one painting on their wall or the one picture on their wall is just a picture of the two of them. Right. Uh, they... Yeah, it's... They're great. I mean... Like, it's just like... It's, it's, it's what you're saying, too. It's like, usually it's like, uh-oh, one roommate's crazy and the other one hates it. But And it's like, well, they argue and they both have their, like, 
weird idiosyncrasies, but like yeah. they do love each other and they're willing to like give up their favorite thing to see the other one happy. I don't know. It's well, really... that's, and that, that's, I mean, also it's, it's fascinating the way, even though, like we were talking about Mel Blanc earlier. Right. And Mel Blanc is one of the great talents of all time in terms of doing character voices, but even he, like Sylvester and Daffy Duck, are basically the same voice. One is sped up a little bit. Right. Um, he wasn't like a man of a million voices. He was right. just good at voices. And his voices were interesting and had personality to them. And Jim Henson and Frank Oz, it's amazing how Bert and Ernie are Kermit and Fozzie. Right. But different. And the yeah. characters are so distinct that you don't mistake them for one another. Like, er, the difference between Ernie's voice and Kermit's voice is very slight. And yet, it's not, it's so different that when you see Kermit show up as one scene after an Ernie scene, you're not like, oh, he sounds like Ernie. Right. And Fozzie and Grover also. Yeah. And Yoda. Yeah. Uh, man, Grover is so good. Grover was always my favorite character growing up. Ugh. Uh, there's a book. The monster at the end of this book? Uh, no, I know that one. That's a great one. But there's a whole book that died, like goes into depth about what each... Uh, Sesame Street character sort of represents. Yeah. And for whatever reason, I was always very close to Grover. My mom would always say that, like, Grover, Grover was my spirit monster. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Real In terms of imagination. And his thing was always like, I'm going to achieve this big, ridiculous thing that is impossible, and I'm going to try my hardest to do it, and it will work or not work, but I'm going to do it. With all of his superhero stuff and all those things. Um, so I've always had an affinity to Grover. I. Cookie Monster is one of the funniest comedic representations of the total lack of impulse control. Yes. Like, he's frenzied to a ridiculous degree. Yeah. Like, those. Those jokes almost shouldn't have worked, but they're just, they commit to them so hard. Just the fact that he loves cookies so much. I mean, the part where he's like, fortune cookies, like, that have paper. Because so, I was right. like, how is he going to, I kind of understood how he ate the pencil. But then when he got that whole typewriter, I'm like, how is he going to, what's going right. to make him eat this whole typewriter? And when he got to the point where he's like, paper and a fortune cookie. Yeah, that was so funny. Uh, fortune cookie with delicious paper inside yeah yeah no it's great um I'm so glad people turned out to see that cause it's it's also the type of thing you wanna like, know the uh, thing about people that turn, turn out to see it too yeah who was that turned out to see it Gethard Show people exactly yeah it's the fucking family man yeah uh all like that that email went out to like Hundreds of UCB performers, and like a handful showed two up. Two or three or four showed up. Yeah, but um, UCB, but get the show people. Step up. They're there. They get it. And here's the thing: like you can watch that on YouTube. You can watch Christmas Eve on Sesame Street on YouTube, and that's great. Right. But I would have found Austin the Garage flying through the air funny watching that on YouTube. Right. But I wouldn't have laughed as hard. Right. Alone in my apartment watching that. As I laughed in a theater full of comedy people. Right.
Connor taking a daring turn into traffic. Uncharacteristic. I don't know where he's going also. Look at him. JD and I got separated. Connor. I, I, I saw it previously. I don't know if Connor hasn't seen it yet. Oh. Have you seen it? It's wonderful. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, we gotta go, Connor. Gotta Chuck, go what? Chuck Jones exhibit. I know. You yeah. really like it. I really like I, it. I, I, I feel like I would get I would get a lot of joy seeing you enjoy it. Well, when I get back, uh, so that, that last week of December before New Year's, right. let's find time to go do that. Yeah, it's uh, two subway stops away from my apartment, so yeah. it's easy for me. And it is free on Fridays at the 4th. Oh, yeah, that's true. I don't mind laying out a little cheddar to see a Chuck Jones thing, though. I'm just saying. I, uh, we, I went with somebody. We had gone to lunch, and we're like, hey, let's right. go see that. And when we got there, I was like, oh, it's free now. You can just go in. I was like, oh, that's, oh, that's cool. For, they call them Friday freeloaders. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we were. Well, Orlando. Friday loaders. You're not going in here, are you now, Orlando? No. Are you? Oh, good. good. All good, right. Good plan. Good. What was your favorite part of it, Orlando? No. Oh no. No. Oh no. Well, we just missed a train, which means. Well. This is like a moment like this. Missing a train at two in the morning when I'm up at six is the kind of moment that kills me because that's the difference between me getting like three hours of sleep and three and a half hours of sleep. Uh, oh, yeah. But you'll get home from work tomorrow and be able to sleep. Um, will I? Yeah. I don't know if I will tomorrow. Um, but these, these are the days you live for. These are the days that I... I'm just trying to put some sort of positive spin on it. Um, yeah, so now the next train will probably be at 2.30 in the morning. Uh, it'll be like 20 minutes. You kind of just taking a cab? No, because I'm so far away now. I don't have $50 to spend on a taxi. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, a couple of weeks ago, when I had my record player repaired, it was at a place on the Upper East Side, and I, it was so heavy, I took a taxi to get home to Woodside. Right. It was $50. Jesus. And that's from the Upper East Side. It's right. It's closer than this. And... Um, but it would have been a nightmare to get that down into the subway. It was like a big, yeah. heavy thing. So I just considered that, like, well, that's the cost of getting it repaired. But a couple of that same week, I fell asleep after I did the, a midnight show at Chelsea and then went for a quick drink at, with uh, the people after the show. And then I fell asleep on the 7 train on the way home and I missed my stop. And, and it was like... At that point, it was like 3.25 a.m. Right. I wake up on the 7 train, three stops past Woodside. Uh, and I, as I'm waking up, I see the westbound train is at the station. And so I'm like, okay, that's another half hour. That's like this moment now. Where it's right. like, it's a half hour until the next train. 
And I was like, okay, I got no choice. I'm going to have to go downstairs and get a taxi. It's, it'll be 10 bucks. Right. But it was just like, it's the difference between me getting to sleep at 3.30 or getting to sleep at 4 a.m. when I'm up right. at 6. And it's rough stuff. But I knew this was going to be a rough, long day. Yeah. Um, How often do you get to sleep like a full night? So you're, you're better, uh, bigger performers around town now. I'm a what? A bigger performer. Like, you perform a lot more. You're, like... Got a lot of shows. People well, ask you to be in things a lot. Yeah, I mean, that's why a lot of times there'll be times when I'm asked to do something I'm just like, I can't. Because I know that, like, um... Gathered show Wednesday night, that means it's automatically not a long night of sleep. It's not the worst, but it's like... If I hang around a little bit after the show, then before you know it, it's close to 1 a.m. And then I'm getting home by 2 a.m., and that means I'm getting four hours of sleep, which is not great. Better than tonight, but it, not great. Thank Friday so night, if there's a late show or when I have George Lucas talk show, that means it's another night where I'm getting home after 2 a.m. and i got to be up at 6. Um, Do you have a day off? Sunday and Monday are my days off, um, which means that I can sleep in, usually Sunday morning. And then, even if I do ask on Sunday night, I know I can sleep in a little on Monday. But I don't like to sleep in too much on those days because I find that sleeping in on days off, you very quickly get to the point where you're like, oh, it's close to noon. That means, like, on a work day, my work day would almost be over, which it starts to feel like I've wasted my day off. Um, you feel like you've wasted this day off? This wasn't a day off. We were recording our podcast and hanging out. Uh, so this is... This feel this is something I want to do, but it's not the same as having a day where I don't have anything to do. This is a day where I have twelve hours of stuff to do. Um, the no, this wouldn't be a wasted day by any by any stretch of the imagination. Um, the well, at least we'll get the full. We'll guarantee to get uh, more than twelve hours in on this, right? Even with the hour yeah. for the special. Who's Shailene Woodley? Um, someone who uh, Mark Lewis is in that. Oh, right. That incest commercial, that's the... She was in... Um, Mark Levy just tweeted and said that's who it was. No, that he, she looks like her. She no, looks he, like he, her. he tweeted and said he looked it up and it was her. It was but when her. was that commercial made? It must be a couple of years ago. And she's the one who was in, like, um, um, Divergent? Yes. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Um, have you seen that version? No. Isn't it any good? It's alright. It's weird because it feels like her love interest in it seems like he's like middle-aged. Just because he seems so much older than her that it's kind of a weird dynamic. Like a really older it's brother. It's a British guy who's on Downton Abbey. I don't think so, but maybe. Um, I could be wrong. Um, boys in the house. Oh, Okay, so I wanted to bring this up because you guys are really into Project Runway. Sure. Yeah. And Top, uh, top Model. I don't watch Top Model. You well, should. I don't have here's, time. here's the thing I would float by you. Here's a show. You have three hours per work. <laughs> that I think you guys would be into because of how much, how high the stakes are. Okay. And like how much work actually goes on. RuPaul's Drag Race. 
Oh, I hear I've heard people who are really into it. Yeah, I've heard people that are really into it. I don't know what it is because it's, or what it's about. It's at once like skewering like all reality TV show, but it's also kind of like Ladies the best reality gentlemen. TV show. Because of like L trains are not running. It really trains these drag queens who are coming in to be like media presenters. Uh-huh. And it's saying you, you have to like you have to be a designer, you have to be like a performer, you have to be a spokesperson, like you have to do all, all these things. Yeah. And it's really interesting, like who really makes it. Like, so these past few seasons, the whole thing has been like we had too many comedy queens. They are these are like these drag queens who come on who are like Fun. performers yeah. and funny and can like do a lot of stuff and they're being told this by what was called pageant queens who are like really beautiful really like right. glamorous and they don't like the jokey stuff they don't like the jokey stuff but it's really or they're like we like it in a small dose like one or two of you but right. don't become the majority right well it's because they can't perform themselves so they're like they're threatened by that mm. I don't know it's all a, they it's have a, is their beauty it's a really interesting show I uh, I was feeling a little down yesterday and I went home and all the new drag queens kind of got announced. It's terrible. And I just spent my whole afternoon like watching videos of them. Did that make you feel better? Yeah. What's the season that you should start with? Oh, ooh, season four. Season four? Yes. One through three are non-essential. One through three are great, but season four is like really when they like hit their pace. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I'll check that out. Have you watched Jim Henson's Creature Shop Challenge? What's that? Jim Henson's Creature Shop Challenge. What is that? I described that to you last time. It's a reality show about puppet d- builders. Oh, right. You would love it. What's it on? Sci-fi. That's now? Yeah. I mean, it's over, but you can watch it all on Hulu. All right, yeah. Brian Henson's one of the judges. Yeah, I'll watch it. It's great. They make amazing puppets. But they're like Dark Crystal Labyrinth style puppets, not like Muppets. Not like Muppets. That's really cool. What's the difference? More realistic, fantastical, less like fuzzy, furry, happy. Um. Boys in the house. Uh, The finale just happened last week. Oh, I haven't caught up. Do you watch it because of uh, my brother, my brother and me? No, it was such a random coincidence, though, is that I was addicted to it, and then they also addicted to it, and I was like, this is why this show is for me. Yeah. Do you listen to My Brother, My Brother, yeah, yeah. and Me? Did you listen to it because I said to listen to it? No, I've been listening. Really? Yeah. It's the funniest podcast in the world. Oh, God, I love those guys. And it's just like, uh, it's really funny, but it's like really loving, and like... Yeah. Griff, ah... Uh, I all love Travis, but Travis is somewhat of a mess. Yeah. And he'll like, say something that they're all like, oh, okay, Trav. Do you listen to Adventure Zone? No, it's Adventure Zone. Okay, remember the episode where they played D&D okay, with their yeah. dad? That's its own podcast now. And they just released episode two this week. There we go, I'm back. It's so funny. Do you know, you should listen to My Brother, My Brother and Me. It's a podcast about three brothers, the, Mac, uh, the McElroy brothers... Justin, Griffin, and Travis. They're just three brothers who grew up in Virginia, uh-huh. and they're really funny. Or West Virginia, Huntington, West Virginia. They're hilarious. It's called what? My brother? My brother, my brother and me. 
two of them are writers for like video game magazines, but it's just them talking. And they, it's a quote unquote an advice show, but it's just them doing bits, and it is so funny. I don't know. It, you, I, you just like immediately just want to be a part of their family. Yeah. And then do you listen to Sawbones? Uh, not as much anymore. Okay. I got into it. I can see how you could fall off, but I just got into it like a month ago. Yeah. Especially after listening to the birth episode. Oh, there's. Oh, they Oof. made one. Because yeah. when they started, like, they hadn't announced yet. Right. So they did a birth episode that was intense. Cause it wasn't funny. It was just about the real crazy stuff that went down. Yeah. But yeah, my brother, my brother, and me. Man, is it good. All right. I'll check it out. Your, your, Connor is. There's a piece of him that's died because we missed that train. Yeah, it's like the me that wanted to sleep is gone. Just the me that can't sleep is here. <laughs> but it is what it is at this point. Is it? Yeah. You don't have any options. What if it is what it isn't? See, now, see we switched places. Yeah. Earlier today, I was the antagonistic one. I'm not antagonistic. You often, sometimes you say this, well, this is my life now. Like, you seem to say we're like... What do I say? Like, you go, well, this is my life now. This is what I am. This is the person I've become. This is who I am for the rest of my life. Do I say that? Yeah. But you don't say we're like, oh, great, this is who I am. I'm like, I find that endearing. Like, If you want to go sleep on that bench, you can. No. And we'll wake you up when the train comes. Yeah, it just breaks my heart that that train couldn't have been a little bit later. Or we yeah. couldn't have just... Like, if we'd known two blocks away, if we'd done a light jog for even a half a block, we would be home. Right? Yeah. 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 Um, you know, if we hadn't watched the incest commercial, we would be home. Yeah, or even just at a certain point, we'd just been like, bye, Pat, and we'd walked out <laughs> uh, instead of hanging around and talking for a few minutes. But there's another reality where that happened no matter what. Maybe we're no matter maybe no what no matter what the the universe wanted us to miss that train. Always look on the bright side of life. She's happy. Connor's really gone. Like, uh, there's a lot of happiness that's left his eyes right now. Yeah, because it's just, I'm so tired, and I know that... But you were, ha you were so happy walking down here, and then this has just destroyed you. It is, because getting to the train station, when you know that every train is a half hour from the next one, and seeing the train with its doors open, and knowing that even if I'd run from that point where we saw it, do you want to walk up the 14th Street? No, we'll miss the next one if we do that. That's right, cut there anyways. What? Or are we about to miss an express going up or something? Yeah. That would have been worked for me, but it would have worked for you because you would have gotten off at Times Square. Yeah, I don't want to do that, but by the time we walk up to... Am I going to have to watch a train pass us now? Uh, Maybe. Hey, maybe there's a train on the way. But this is the second train that we exactly. see on that way. So that means we don't have much time until our, our second train comes. No, it just means we're screwed. Why does that mean we're screwed? It just means that 
once again, we're on the wrong side of history. <laughs> that while all the downtown Park Slope people are getting to go, getting prompt service, the people of Queens are being treated like second-class citizens. All the listeners were able to see me going into the movie in a real crabby mood. Not the movie, but I was in a real crabby mood today. And then my spirits were lightened by it. And then somehow the reverse has happened to Connor and he's been crushed. All I wanted was to be on that train. <laughs> Everyone else got their Christmas wish. Oh no. Connor, Connor, I need you to be my Bert here, my friend. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I complain a lot about public transportation. The reason I do, <laughs> the reason I do is because I believe in public transportation. I believe in the power of public transportation. I think it's a, it's an unqualified good thing. I think that the public transportation systems, uh, the reason I complain about them is they need to be better. It's, it's not that I'm like, um, it's not that my feeling is that, uh, that's the power of love. Some people complain about the subways because they wish they were riding in a taxi. Yes. Or they wish they were driving their own car or whatever like that. They don't want to take that side. I just think like, you know, you notice it when like funding gets cut and then there's fewer trains. And some people are just Wait, like, has that happened? At various points, I feel like the fares have gone up and it feels to me like there are points where there's less train service and it translates to, or, or, or the amount, the number of trains isn't keeping up with the demand for those trains. Sure. Like when you find at certain times of day that you will be at a train station and, you, and many, many trains will go by and they're so filled with people that no one can get on them. That means that not enough trains are running. Right. To serve the, the number of people who are trying to use them. And that is something that I noticed. Like that, that's... And maybe at, late at night, maybe they don't need more trains than one every half an hour. Maybe that is what's great. Imagine you live in Staten Island. What do you mean? To wait every hour for a ferry. Yeah, and then you got to be in Staten Island. I, I, I just dislike the trepidation that the system have about, like, expanding everything. What about it? Like you said, like, you live in Queens, it's being treated like a second-class citizen. You, you pay the same money... And there's like no cross town trains. There's really like two lines to Queens. Right. Unless you're going to the airport. Or like, I'll have a real problem with, on the one hand, like the weekend service on the 7, there's like most weekends of the year, there's some sort of thing where it's like, we're not running all the way to Manhattan, so you gotta transfer to the end. And what I'll notice is that like, and maybe it's just me being oversensitive to me being inconvenienced, but. I feel like, okay, we know the 7 is not running fully through. Let's compensate by having not a huge wait between end trains when everyone's relying, when everyone's feeding into the end trains to get in Manhattan. And I'll notice that, oh, it seems like I'm waiting longer than even on a normal weekend for an end train. That I'm just at Queensborough Plaza and it's, you know, you'll get there and then you'll wait 20 minutes or a half an hour for an end train. That's... In, a, in the daytime, that's longer than it should be. Right. Um, I feel. Well, I mean, like, why did that just shut down that, that, uh, that, like, section for, like, a month? 
it'd be easier than shutting it down for nights, yeah. Weekends for a whole year. Well, and if you provide alternative, and I think the the assumption is, well, we do it on weekends because it inconveniences fewer people. It's never that's never been the case for me because I've always worked on Saturday, so I'll always be the oh. But most people work Monday to Friday, I guess. So it's you know that's the way it is. Um, what would you say if I told you a train was coming? Say you're either telling the truth or something cruel has happened. Viewer listeners, here. is this another one of JD's lies? I don't think it is. I don't think you'd do that to me. What if I, what if I, okay, what if I might have been doing it just to get your spirits up to see you a little bit happier? I trust you. I trust that you saw a train. Good. It might be stuck there for 10 more minutes, though. Is that just a brilliant save on your part? No. All right. It just might be stuck there. Um, I, I think I've said this before that I really want to, I've always had the temptation to do, <laughs> to make a music video for, um, Empire State of Mind, um, and it's just made up of footage of 7 a.m. on the 7 train going into New York. So you see the skyline and everything, but it's the saddest, most tired-looking collection of people you'll ever see. No one is happy to be there, and it's just the whole video is beautiful, beautiful shots of exhausted adults sleeping, staring, no one smiling, and you see them all going into the... Um, Coffee jungle where dreams are made. What? I think it's, it has its own beauty. What? Like all these tired. You're tired. tired you're poor. Immigrant. Like. Let's wait for the next train. Let's be masters of our domain. You're not able to do this train. What's that? You're not able to do this train. You are though. I guess I'll just switch it at 40 seconds. Yeah. Uh, not this one. <laughs> this is 57th Street, 7th Avenue, bound Q, local train. The next stop is 14 Union. Yeah. Next to you. We need uh, at least one microphone next to you. Um, uh, so we, we end at 42nd Street then? Yeah. That's the takeaway that I got from watching the Sesame Street special. Um, uh, but you knew that already. Like, you were very pro-friendship before this even began. Yeah, but I feel like, I don't know. Honestly, you know what it's been? What? It's been a long year. Tough year. A lot of stuff going on. Yeah. So. Do you feel like we're, do you feel like, thinking of you and I on the podcast, how do you think we're different than when we did the first one? Oh, we're so, I mean, I was telling someone while you're using the restroom, is it's like, we have so many things we can't talk about that it means the last episode or two has been, we can't really get into talk, to like, feeling much. Because the things that we're truly feeling, we can't really talk about or discuss. 
and they haven't really happened yet. My guess is our next episode will be a really great episode because we'll have a lot to truly react to in a more viscerally emotional way as opposed to sort of we have to be careful and then because of that it's easier to talk about things that aren't the things we're feeling with or coping with. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like this has been fun. The last two. But they've been, I feel like they've been sort of preludes to us truly experiencing a thing. I don't know. Why? What do you think the takeaway was? That all sounds pretty good. No, you gotta say something. Um... I mean, I don't feel like I ever really change. Not anymore. I'm trying to think of the last time I went through a really profound change. And I think it's been... I think it's been a decade. I think it's been a decade since I've really changed. I think you have changed in the last three years. How do you think so? I don't know. You do things now that you never would have done three years ago. But I'm still the same about it, though. Yeah, but the, you're, the things that you do, I think the way you think about things has changed also. It's interesting you say that, because I don't think I have. That's not a bad thing to me, but... Do you think you're going to continue working at Barnes & Noble in 2015? Uh, probably not. At some point in 2015... Uh, he, he said it. What? Yeah said it earlier at some point in 2015 I'll probably stop working there three years ago you would never never would have imagined that no I would have I've been saying I was going to stop working there since 2002 you have but I feel like in all the discussions I've had with you you've been like no I'd be very happy just doing improv shows and this and that and this that's still true yeah but now you're also you're on you got your eyes on prizes that you want that you know yeah, you can get I don't know but I'm still very skeptical of show business you know like I'm still you not should sure be. it's, it's a good, shitty it sucks I'm still not, but I'm still not sure it's a good fit for me you know I don't think it's a good fit for anyone I think you just eat, you that's sque- not true show business is a great fit for you JD no I think you squeeze out the parts of it that you like and you try to ignore the rest of it yeah but like you're at home like when you're running a set you feel like you're at home yeah, but I get stressed out and I get uncomfortable and lonely and all this, all these things that come with it. And it's a battle. It's tough. I don't like those parts, but I like making stuff, and that's why yeah. I do it. And you're a performer. So yeah, there's parts that don't fit for you, but those are, those are the parts that you fight through to get the one part that you do like. I'm gonna end on a plug. Uh, January second. If you listen to this podcast, you live in New York City. Come see the George Lucas Talks for ECBs. I need some people to come see that show because I want to keep doing it. And not enough people came to this last one. You came, Orlando. Did you enjoy it? I always enjoy it. That was a fun one. 12 heads. Please, January 2nd? January 2nd. January 2nd. Let's all go to see George Lucas Talk Show. I'll be there. I think it'll be fun. I'll be there. Connor's hosting it. Let's, let's make that the Christmas present that you give Connor for 2015. Uh, enjoy New Year's Eve rest up on New Year's Day and then come out again for another midnight everyone tweet at Connor 
hashtag I'm in. And the name of uh, an obscure outer universe Star Wars character that you can look up. Just look up Star Wars character. Find a find a random one. Yeah. Even if you're not a Star Wars fan, come to the show. Yeah. January second. That's what we're gonna do. And it's it, we're not really gonna talk about Star Wars that much. It's primarily gonna be talking about Strange Magic, the new film in theaters, January twenty third. I'll say January first. Don't rest up. Come to the polar bear swim in Coney Island. Have you done Did a polar bear swim before? It's gonna be my third one. I did the Polar like Bear Swim in Chicago. Ooh, colder, right? It was one of the most intense experiences of my life. Because the, the, the when we went out there and did it, it was, I think, negative five. We had to go through, like, knee-deep snow. And it's a big thing. And then there's ice that goes out all the way to the edge of the water. And you jump in, and you're in waist-deep water. You go all the way under, and the water was freezing. You come out, and you're like, ah! You've, like, lost all your breath. And then I couldn't because you jump off ice that's gone out there's water and then a, a big thick ledge of ice are we ending the podcast right now? yeah we can uh, do you want to give me your lob or hold on to it? I'll bring it I'll bring it on Wednesday to the show okay um, it's been a 12 hour day it's been a good day been a 12-hour day and a very good day. Thank you for having to stay with me, Connor. I'm sorry that it's so late. I knew it'd be late. I'm not really mad. I was just mad at the train, not at you. Connor, you've had a you've had a great 2014. You have two, JD. I mean, we've both achieved a lot this year. There are a lot. There's some rough stuff, but there's some bad stuff, some good stuff. We got through it. We did. Uh, I'm gonna watch. I'm gonna walk. And you're in the train, and I'm out of the train. I'm going to walk with you as far as I can, okay? Okay. And, uh, and, that, and that's this episode of 12 Hour Day. Okay, and see if you can hear me. I'm going to run, aside, I'm going to run alongside the train. I'm running with you, JD. I'm running with you. Ah, that's as far as I can go. Ah, that's as far as I can go. Wow, Connor was really far away from me. Well... I guess that's a 12 hour day. I wanna wish you a Merry Christmas. I wanna wish you a Merry Christmas. I wanna wish you a Merry Christmas from the bottom of my heart. I wanna wish you a Merry Christmas.